What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hello. Back from the dead. That's right. Like the emperor himself. I rose from my grave into a field of snow. Fantastic. We have Jeff Marquefava. Hey. We have Kyle Hilliard. The dead speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is. Welcome to the Mech Show. Uh, we're finally doing it. This is the episode where we're going to count down our five most anticipated games of 2020. Just, People are laughing screaming for it. It's been a lifetime. Just a reminder for everybody, Chrono Trigger. Just as a concept, just please mm-hmm. remember it. I like it. Yeah, it's the next installment of The Deepest Dive. If you missed last week's episode, how this works is we are taking the beloved game Chrono Trigger, breaking it up into three different chunks, and then talking about each section as in-depth as possible. No surface-level stuff. Very specific things fueled by the community. And like so, how many how many pixels are in each sprite? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, specific. please. I yeah. genuinely want people to write in with stuff like, this treasure chest here almost passed me by because it almost looks like this. And, like, I want as specific as you can go. Uh, so that's going to be airing. The first installment is going to be airing on the 22nd of January. And so probably on January 20th, for sure on January 20th, we'll have a post <laughs> on Patreon looking for the community's feedback on the game up until you reach the end of time, which – Lo and behold, is about four hours in, so yeah. a shorter chunk than I imagined, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a lot to talk about, just in Chrono Trigger overall, um, you know, the development, stuff like that. We'll cover a lot in that first chunk for the deepest dive on Chrono Trigger, which will be then airing on the 22nd. So please uh, play up into the end of time, which is going to be right after, like, the sci-fi section, all that stuff in Chrono Trigger, and let us know what you think. Uh, it's still fun to see the community debating about what version to get. It seems like yeah. on the Discord there's a lot of people already talking about it and, like, weighing in. And, like, there's a bunch of people who are playing it for the first time, which I'm very excited about. I want those perspectives for sure. Serial Vasquez, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear all about it. Also, Just, me too. Great. Heads up you. for everybody. The Steam version, totally fine. Like, I think a lot of people are... But it doesn't have pixelated font, right? Or it does now? It does now, yeah. Okay, Still, there's some small mm-hmm. tweaks in the UI where as you can see some remnants of mobile, but honestly... If I didn't know that that version came out looking so bad and just jumped right into that, I don't think it would be jarring at all. Okay. I think it's the way to go. It's 15 bucks on Steam. Yeah. It's great. Also, heads up, uh, we're going to be streaming another uh, tabletop game this that's Thursday right. night. So if you're listening nice. to this or watching or this tomorrow. very early, that's right. So it's going to be Thursday night. We're going to be streaming Cash and Guns in honor of the Discord being obsessed with shootouts. <laughs> we should play the <laughs> ultimate tabletop shootout game, which is mm-hmm. Cash and Guns. That's going to be 8 p.m. Central on Thursday. It's going to be exclusive to $5 supporters on Patreon. Patreon comes up the next two ends. All right, let's get to it. We could talk about 
Dragon Ball Z Kakarot this episode. <laughs> but why have like early, early yeah. impressions? Jeffem has to soak in all that's good about Dragon that's Ball. Right. I'm mm-hmm. learning so much. But you have the game, yes? Yes. I started it yesterday. Oh my god. And did you fall asleep? No. Oh, it's ex- oh, it's a good one. So ever since you got that copy, you have not slept. <laughs> right. Do you feel it's like it's your Dragon Ball? Do you feel like it's a game that you're excited to weigh in on and play for an extended period of time, or are you immediately dreading it? I'm not dreading it. I don't know how excited I am at this point. Okay. Um, well, we should, we should, it's been interesting so far. The reason yeah. that this, you're questioning this is because, like, Serial, you and me, we like Dragon Ball. We're, we've been following it for a long time. Jeff, um, I don't know anything about Dragon to, Ball, right? Yeah, I had to send him the Wikipedia article for Dragons. Although, I was like, <laughs> bare minimum. I, I did do a feature about Dragon Ball, stupid column, one of my st- old stupid columns about Dragon Ball characters. I can't remember what the BS like reasoning behind it was, but yeah. I did have to read a lot of Dragon Ball lore, and so I do recognize some characters. Okay, okay. Like, okay. Oh, I know this Piccolo character. He's no good. Yeah, but maybe I don't remember good. any actual facts about. Them. Okay, that's fine. Look, so, we'll save all that for next week. Yeah. I'm excited to dive into that game. Genuinely, it's one of my most anticipated games of 2020. Even though I don't expect it to be amazing, but yeah. I just want to go through that experience. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the reason it's not on my list is. Because I'm playing it. <laughs> but it would have been right. if we'd done made this list a, you know, a week ago, maybe. Yeah, so that's what this episode's all about. We're going to be ranking our top five most anticipated games of 2020. It's going to be intense. And, like, it's tough. I'm trying not to fudge this. I'm trying to go with the honesty in my heart of right. what am I most excited about when I have it in my possession to boot up and play. That is what I was trying to go off of for this because I can get sidetracked with a lot of things. Like, oh, I want to support a game like Ooblets. That looks fun. Mm-hmm. And not in my top five. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're doing. We're going to go around the table, number five, number five, number five. And as always, if somebody says your entry early, just jump in and talk about the game then. We don't need to repeat it and save it for like, well, that's my number one, all that fun stuff. Okay, Sergio Vasquez, your number uh, five most anticipated game. Did we tell you we were doing this, Sergio? <laughs> yeah. You were gone. Okay, okay. Yeah, there, there, were, there was a message in the Slack Yeah, you were gone. So. Um, so my number five is Yakuza Like a Dragon. Wow. I'm pretty excited about because I've, I've played all of the ones that they've released since Zero. So Zero, Yakuza, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, 6, and Judgment. Um, well, it's not really a Yakuza game. But it's all fun of that umbrella. It's part of the Soulsborne series, you know. Yeah. Um, but, like, when I played those games, I to me, the combat was always the thing that I eventually got super... I got tired of the combat way before I got tired of, like, the, the story and the, yeah. and the characters and stuff. And I know for a lot of people, like, they really enjoyed that stuff, but for me, it always felt like, okay, the, uh, like, the regular random fights you're having in the city become super boring, and then the boss fights feel like this weird, like, okay, well, now you actually have to think about this combat in ways that I, I never found super interesting or fun. So I think them switching over to an RPG, like, turn-based combat system, I think is a, kind of exciting. I'm a little cautious about how that's going to affect the pacing if you're like, okay, this these fights that usually would take, like, 30 seconds or something in... in previous games, this is going to take me two minutes or something, um, but if they manage to, like, figure out how to properly pace that stuff, I think it'd be really cool, and yeah. they've been trying since basically Zero to always have, like, no, play this one first, please don't think about the fact that Yakuza has been going on forever and that there's all these, like, intersecting plot Just lines and the game. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so this is another one of those, right, because it's, they've, even though it's, they, it's technically Yakuza 7, but yeah. they're calling it like a dragon because they want it to be a new beginning, and it has a new protagonist, um, and a lot of the stuff they're doing around, like, you know, how he he's very, like, into Dragon Quest, and a lot of, like, the, they're turning a lot of everyday aspects into RPG mechanics, I think is, is 
uh, pretty interesting. Um, so, like, I'm looking forward to having another one of those, like, kind of, like, very Japanese soap drama kind of, yeah, for kind sure. of stories to go. Like, I'm always up for one of those games. So. I'm totally with you. And, like, in a way... You know, it almost goes back to what makes Earthbound exciting, like having an RPG, like in modern day-ish setting, right? Um, like that's what I'm looking forward to. This, like, it's so rare to see an RPG, basically just in a fully modern setting in an open world, like Yakuza. Without a lot of like supernatural, because like Persona yeah. takes place in modern day and they're like right, basically right. Day, but like it's it's this, this feels very different from that. You know, yeah. is there like a time skip for Yakuza Seven, like between six and seven, or is it like I don't know. I it might be it might be like concurrent with maybe six, like around that same period. Okay. But I, I don't. I don't but think they are. It is being presented as like if you've never played Yakuza, this is another entry point for you. Right? Yeah, like this is all new characters. In yeah, the like the, the protagon- like they they're switching protagonists for the first time in the Yakuza okay. series. Cool. So yeah. So the nice thing too is we'll find out how good it is very soon based on those hot Famitsu reviews. Uh, it's coming out January 16th in Japan, and so yeah. the reviews should be online by the time you're listening to this or watching this even, so we'll probably have some vague idea of at least what people think about the Japanese version. Um, I'm with you. I'm very excited about it. Like, rewatching those trailers, too, just the mini-games, of course. It's Yakuza games. It's going to be mini-games. Like, they have, like, the go-karting through the streets of Japan and this. Yeah. Like, that seems so silly. A lot of mini-games are, are always super fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm also really curious about when it's going to be released in the West. Uh like, what it would be the worst time for this game to come out? Uh, the first week of April or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess April or March. That's the fan where every other game of 2020 is coming out. I just worry about it hitting this window of, like, right when new console hype. I could see Sega being like, well, we're uh, trying to localize as fast as we can and get it up the door. And then just being like, oh, do I want to play on last gen again? Yeah, I mean, that, that question is going to be interesting moving forward because everything is so explicitly backwards compatible this time around where it yeah. wasn't last time. I don't know if it'll make a huge difference. I mean, DS to 3DS, there were still games caught in that sort of whirlpool of, like, you know, Okami Den is a big one that, like, came right. out right as the 3DS came out, and people forget that game exists now. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sir, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, I've tried playing Zero, Kiwami, and Six, and it's like, I want to like this, and I think that turn-based RPG combat and... Maybe a sillier tone. Like, I, I'm all for it. I'm super excited for it. How could it be any sillier? I think just because like, it, there's like the, main, okay. like the main story is sillier? Or? No, yeah. I think just like the battle animation. Yeah, and stuff but like the way that. they okay. implement RPG mechanics into mm-hmm. them. Like, one of your, like, a summon is basically calling, like, someone on your phone and having them come into attack, basically. Oh, okay. So. Okay. That makes you know, sense. silly enough yeah. for you, big boy? Well, because in the previous games, it's like you're babysitting this kid while you're beating people up and you're doing karaoke and all uh-huh. these kind of crazy things. And so yeah. I didn't know how they could go. It's a new avenue silly. for silly stuff. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That was the original name, Yakuza 7, a new avenue, avenue for silly stuff. stuff. Jeff, number five. Number Better five. Like a dragon. Hey. Uh, <laughs> like a dragon. Uh, my number five is Dying Light 2. Great oh. choice. Did you play much of the first one? I did. I, okay. And... Uh, more specifically, I played a ton of Dead Island, which is kind of yeah. where I got on board. And it's it's that weird legacy with, like, which ones did Techland work on and, you know, when did they split off of mess. Dead Island and go on to Dying Light. But basically, I think everything that Techland has done has been really good. And with Dead Island, I think Dead Island was one of the best open-world zombie kind of simulation games that, like... The sense of place and the sense of danger that the original Dead Island had, yeah. I still think about, and I still think that was super awesome. And the problem was that it was kind of janky, and, like, the controls and stuff weren't great. There there was a lot of stuff that wasn't great back then. Well, like, who do you voodoo, b- 
Also, mm-hmm. also, wow, I had forgotten that song <laughs> miraculously, but now it's right back in there. But uh, that transition to Dying Light fixed a lot of that stuff, and Dying Light was a lot more fluid, and they kind of had a parkour system mm-hmm. and kind of carried over all the cool, like, loot things and stuff with that, while also, you know, still having this big open world. And it, it, from what we've seen so far, it seems like Dying Light 2 is another you know, like, similar step forward. It seems much more fluid. They said they've added a lot more parkour mechanics and, like, a whole climbing system and all these kind of things. And they're leaning much more heavily into choice, like the big demo they had a while ago. Yeah. Like, oh, are you going to flood this entire section yeah. of the city or not? Wasn't right? there a quote that uh, in one playthrough you'll see maybe half the game or something like that? Which I, I think is a quote that people have used before. But Yeah, I, I think it, it's like... You may you will gain access to different areas, and you may lose access to other ones. Chris Avalon is the narrative designer, which yeah. they have spoken a lot about. In that going back to old Obsidian roots, yeah, Kotor guy, right? Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. And so the the choices and narrative stuff are interesting to me, but I'm more excited, and it's ultimately on this list just because of the gameplay demos that they've put out. And there there have been a lot where I think the series does a good job of making zombies be scary and like yeah. actually threatening to your life and and it, there are sections that have reminded me of the same reason I really loved The Last of Us where it's like there will be times when you are pushed into an area and you are very much in danger of dying at any point and you just kind of have to improvise your way through it and, and it's, it seems like a lot of the demos have shown degrees of that where it's like okay I have to you know I'm going to grab this weapon and I'm going to be that's going to get me out of this immediate jam but then I have this entire horde chasing me and so I'm going to yeah. climb up here and jump over here and I like that I think they they have always done a good job of making it feel like a dangerous world and a, a very distinct sense of place and I'm hoping that this one does it as well they don't have a release date yet do they no I don't think so so spring 2020 seems like some of the last messaging is there any chance you think that they push it back to be next gen launch Maybe. I mean, it's such a tech powerhouse there. You'd think they'd be interested. I mean, yeah, that's the question with any game that's not confirmed for, like, that doesn't have a confirmed release date at this point, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, Kyle Hilliard, number five. Number five. It's Little Nightmares 2. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is, like, a, a maybe an odd pick, but, like, I really like that first game a lot. And I, I thought it was pretty, um, uh, like, standalone, right? Like, it ends in such a way that I, I didn't really feel like I, I wanted a sequel. Really? When they announced it, I was like, well, you know, that world is really, really strange that they established of just, like, you being this small child traveling through this boat of, like, these carnivores of these, like, giant weird creatures. What? It's a really weird I remember game. being a little thing in a shed, but it goes places. It goes, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. it, it's really cool. Um, and then, like, when it came out on Switch, I ended up playing it again and stuff. So, like, I, I really want to see where that goes next. Like, I feel yeah. like that game kind of, I mean, it, it got a sequel, so it must have done pretty well. Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's kind of this, like, surprise little hit. And it was I didn't expect a sequel, but it was one of those things that when they announced it, like, my mind lit up. And I was kind of like, you know what? I do want to revisit that world because it was really cool. So, yeah, yeah. Little Nightmares 2. Tarsier Studios, Tarsier Studios. Yeah, they have a weird history. Oh yeah, little yeah, you pulled it up right yeah. now. Little Big Planet stuff. And, it's just like yeah. yeah, they came from Little Big Planet. They're obsessed with little things and little toys. <laughs> yeah, and, and then they just like, took a turn for the. And door. Little Nightmares was announced like it, it was in development for a long time, and it had a different name. I think it was called like Hunger when it was initially announced, mm. uh, which is actually more 
uh, makes more sense in the context of the game when you play it. Um, but huh. little nightmare, little nightmares is more intriguing. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, my number five, like a dragon. Oh yeah, I got you, oh, big boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, because the RPG combat is like the, the, the one barrier you need to cross to get you into the series. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, we're just the brawler combat in general. It's like, uh, it's fine. And it is it is specifically inspired by Dragon Quest, which is yes, a series the main that you character, liked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a weird, like, it's not a Sega franchise, right? Like, no, that's Square. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, well, I just wanted like, do they have any sort of association with the Dragon Quest series? And no, it's just it's just weird for them to. Like for for them to publicly to go oh to really into they with something yeah like, right. like oh uh, like what's what's Sega's RPG is it like Star Ocean did, is yeah that, is that Wait, no 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 that's also that was Enix so that's also okay. Square at this so point. like I guess they did, they wanted to have an RPG but Sega Skies didn't of have, Arcadia yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. really into Skies of Skies of Arcadia <laughs> yeah. uh, number four serial uh, my number four is Cyberpunk, uh, Cyberpunk. Which, there it is which might be surprising for how it is but like I think that. So I, I'm, you know, as someone who has the The Witcher 3 as one of their, like, best games of the decade, um, they're, they're doing a lot here that I think is interesting but may not be for me specifically. So hmm. the um, this feels a lot more like a like it's building on the, the structures of Deus Ex more than it's building on, like, anything The Witcher did. Yeah. Um, and, like, I like Immersive, like, this Honored is, is a game that I that I really like, but I, this this feels like it's more going to be a little bit more methodical and less about stealth and more about, like, okay, my, my biggest fear for the game is for that, for a lot of the more interesting situations to be like, oh, this door is locked. Well, let's let me go find the grate or, like, ha- find the way to hack the door or, like, talk to someone, like, that is less interesting to me personally, and I know that a lot of people will get, a, uh, like, a huge kick out of it, and, you know, I'm interested to see, like, the, the different branches and stuff of the, like, how you can talk to people out of situations and things like that, but um, this feels like I'm less interested in this, in this at face value than I was something like The Witcher, so, like, but but even even with that, I like how, you know, they're really good at building out these worlds, and, and you know, they're kind of claim that the city will be smaller but more dense with characters and stuff. Yeah. I think that I'm really into, and um, the, the way you can kind of build your character with different stats, obviously, that's going to be cool. But, you know, the ways that those are going to be in service to, like, an immersive sim versus an RPG, I think, is less interesting to, for me personally. Yeah. Um, it's always that weird thing. Like, are there specifics about the gameplay that have you more excited? Or is it just, hey, it's Cyberpunk's next game from the team that made The Witcher 3. Is that about yeah, the level you're writing that, at? That, 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 to me, is the thing that I'm, like, that I'm writing most on. Yeah. Um, but, like, you Do know. Do you think there's going to be, like, a weird disconnect when that game finally comes out of people being like, oh... It's just a really, really well done Deus Ex. Uh, wait, are you talking about like Witcher fans being? I think so. Uh, of like crash on reality of like, oh, it's it turns out it's a game. It, it looks like it's going to be incredibly well done, but yeah. still at the same point, like but it's different from the Witcher, right? It's right. going to be a lot different. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I think the people who like are excited about that game are um, like really into it and know what to expect. Oh you yeah, know? I don't yeah. know. There's, I don't think there's going to be a lot of be a lot of people like searching the, you know, the store online and being like, oh, for the people that made The Witcher? Okay, I'll check that out. Well, I think, I, I, think I, of, I think a lot of it is built on, like, this is the next game from those guys. I don't think it's specific sure. to, like, oh, they're making a huge site. Like, the the CD Projekt Red people are making, a like, a, a cyberpunk game, right? Because it's like, you know, there have been a lot of cyberpunk games over the like, last few years, but none of them have this level of hype. I think them yeah. being involved with it is, like, why it's why it's, like, a lot of people's, you know, biggest anticipated title. Uh, it's, I'm intimidated by it, yeah. honestly. Like, I don't, it's going into it, like, I'm, I'm excited to try it, but, like, I'm also nervous about it because if it's as big as I expect it to be, it's, like, 
get better. You better get ready to commit. Yeah. You know, and like I don't know if I'm ready to do yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm I like I, I'm personally more interested in like how they're gonna uh, explore different outcomes and how you can talk to people and like what 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 kinds of stories is interested in telling in the cyberpunk world? Because one of my favorite things about The Witcher was that it felt like a, a constant subversion of fantasy tropes, and I haven't seen that from cyberpunk so far. It feels more like it's in, like totally embracing the idea of like cyberpunk is cool and like let's have a dystopian future yeah. where it's like you know like the the people with better insurance get access to healthcare fat like to, to emergency ambulances and stuff faster. But I'm hoping they they kind of like introduce interesting twists to that versus like isn't like isn't our world dystopic, which is like a thing that cyberpunk very naturally does. Um, and like just their like when they whenever they link to into in their demos and like oh here's this cool gun that you can use and here's like those this way you can hack this guy and shoot them like I'm not interested in like that super specifically. What about uh, like the hacking in general? It's like oh you can hack this robot to like the boxing robot to murder the man or like yeah, any of that so stuff like that, the ultimate that, realm. that stuff is fun but it doesn't feel like you know I've seen this before like you I, want I, the I've storytelling seen, yeah like I want to see how I want to because like, that's I feel like is going to be my if, if I do fall in love with this game, it's going to be because of that. It's not going to yeah. be because, like, oh, like, instead of me killing him personally, I killed this boss by using the turret. Like, that's, right. that's a cool trick, but, it, you know, you've seen it bef- You've seen it in, like, stuff like this, X before, yeah. so. All right, make your prediction. Will Keanu Reeves be nominated for Best Performance in a Video Game? By Human Now? For the Game Awards next year. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, just not, to try and get him there. Not in the same year as Last of Us Two coming out, right? I mean, yeah, I think you, there's the full cast. They can mock, nominate multiple people, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. That's how nominations work. I am very curious about his role in that game. Yeah, is he gonna be totally phoned in, or I don't think it's gonna be phoned in. I think it's probably gonna be bigger than people expect. Yeah. Like based on those demos. I mean, and yeah, they it. said that he's like a main character. That well, who's with, who's you. with you. He, right? he's, he's like one of three companion characters you can choose. Like, he, he can <laughs> optionally not be... Just, wait, really? I'm sorry for the so. people who are I think not have Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, like, that, 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 that was kind of my concern, is that, like, there are, I'm pretty sure you can pick other faction leaders to, like, side with. Oh, maybe one of but, the other guys is Tom. But isn't he, like, living in your head? Yeah, but I'm... I'm like those two things are kind of completely in my brain. Because I know at some point I heard that there are you can oh, choose got three brain different. Right now, uh, yeah, that was a classic problem. Thank you, honey. There we go. Cyberpunk was my number one, so cereal just crapped all over. Well, well, jump in. Yeah. There you no, go. Uh, you're supposed to talk about it now. Share your excitement. Then when we wrap yeah. on to number one, then you reveal I, it and we throw confetti in the air. Oh, okay. That's that's how it works. <laughs> I I guess I am excited for all the reasons that. Serial said at the beginning of his that this game isn't for him. I think those are the things that make it for me. I am more interested in a first-person action simulation kind of game than I ever was with The Witcher. And the modern or future setting to me is also more interesting than, you know, medieval fantasy. And there, there certainly have been a lot of cyberpunk games, you know, like... That is such an old trope at this point, but it seems like they are going back to a historical origin of it that I don't actually know that much about. Right. You know? so you're going to learn more about the specific cyberpunk yeah. world. And and it seems like they're willing to get weird with concept, like sci-fi. I'm a big sci-fi nerd, so yeah. getting weird with interesting sci-fi concepts is also yeah. a big draw for me. And I will say they have shown a little bit of, like, you know, um, one of the demos had them in, in was basically like, oh, this was supposed to be, like, uh, a number of condos for rich people, but they all kind of abandoned it. So it's like this hollowed out, like huge building. Yeah. So I like those. Like that is like the thing that is, that I'm looking forward to most is like seeing. I want to see a ton of that, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I'm curious to see like because the city is smaller. You know how many how many more stories are they, are they going to have like that, and how many more like opportunities yeah. to do to tell stories that way are they going to have? Let's see. Yeah. Let's try and predict the dings 
against Cyberpunk 2077 on the, on the GameSpot know. review system? What are the um, minus? Do you think like the driving people care. aren't going to be crazy about? I don't. I mean, I think there's issues with like, um, like even at the E3 demo you're talking about, like the way minorities are represented, yeah. and things like that. Like, I think that kind of stuff. Some of that dialogue was a little bit like, okay. yeah, yeah. So I think the sort of uh, social, sort of cultural element of the game. We'll see how that plays out, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as, like, mechanically, yeah, I mean, maybe the the shooting won't be, like, when, you know, it's hard to compare, like, games that aren't first-person shooters first to stuff like Call of Duty and Destiny. You right, know? right. Um, yeah, could yeah. be. Uh, Jeff, number four? Number four. Well, okay, now I can ruin everything for you guys. Please. Uh, <gasps> is Final Fantasy VII Remake. There it is. Number that, four. That's very interesting yeah. for you. Yeah, uh, and part of that is because I have never played it before. And yeah, so, like, same this, here. Well, actually, I probably played a little bit more than you, but go ahead, sorry. Yeah, because I literally played <laughs> Probably you like to talk about this game? <laughs> sorry, I didn't no. let you talk. Uh, and so I think the more action-oriented approach to it is also a plus for me, which, mm. which it seems very interesting in that, like, it's still basically turn-based stuff. You have, like, meters filling up and stuff, but they it seems like they just added, like, basic attacks that you can do, but they don't actually do that much damage, but it just kind of gives you something that you can do while, while you cool. know, it's, like, recharging and things. But that's, perf- that's like, perfect for me. Yeah. You know? Did you get a chance to play it yet? No, no I haven't. Mm-mm. It's a dream come true. I want them to release that demo so desperately because playing that uh, locked it into place for me where it's, like, I think it's the best I felt about the future of Final Fantasy since, like, before the release of Final Fantasy IX. Like, I mean, at that level of hype of, like, I think they're doing it. Like, based on <laughs> yeah. how well that demo played, mm-hmm. I think like it's happening. almost like it's on your list. <laughs> That's right. And, and it, it seems like, like this is the vision of the game that fans of that game have had in their head this whole time. Like, kind yeah. of, like, I get to play... Not only my because if I went back and played the original Final Fantasy VII, I wouldn't have fun with it, and it would probably be mm. like, oh look, look how lame all this stuff looks, and look how bad no. the performances I, are. And stuff I think the models look bad. No performance. <laughs> you hang on. Do you think the models look bad? No, no, in the original, like the like they they. I don't think they did like even the TV approach to it well. Like I, I think there have been better. TV I love games. I love the look of it. It's just pure nostalgia, but I yes, love what that, And that is exactly is. what I'm saying, is I'm, I'm going I, into it without any nostalgia. You would have a good time. If you enjoy RPGs at any level, if you went back and played the original, you would not be miserable. You would okay. have a good time playing the game. Even so, but... No, we'll, not maybe, Jeff. <laughs> Fine. You yes, would not be I miserable, would, Jeff. Pause. Let's have Jeff and play the but game it, right now. It wouldn't live up to the hype and the memories and nostalgia that everyone has, and it, it feels like... I'm getting a chance to play more what the vision is that people have going into it. Like, I get yeah. to play the best possible version. And the thing Maybe. That, that <laughs> hopefully, yes. And the thing that really puts it on this list is I also, it's kind of like stepping in a time machine and going back because I, I now get to have that experience while everyone else is having it. Because the other thing about going back and playing it now is I'd be experiencing all these things for the first time and, like, no one else would give a shit. Because it's right. you know so many years old that people I'd be like hey remember when this happened in Final Fantasy VII and no I'd one care. would care I would care but like <laughs> but now that we are going into it and it's kind of an alternate version you know like things may be changing mm-hmm. and stuff I can experience all those things for the first time and actually be part of the conversation as the entire industry is having without spoiling anything here and now like how much do you know about the storyline to Final Fantasy VII uh, that. Oh, yes, he didn't say which one. <laughs> all right, all right. It's, 
I know very little. I'm excited too because like any female character as he's playing the game. that out. I think I'm The reason I stumbled earlier was because like I the thing about me is I have tried to start Final Fantasy VII multiple times throughout my life. Like even on a PlayStation disc, I think I got halfway through disc one when it came out on Vita. Like I played it on my Vita. I played it like even in the last couple of years on like PS4, but I can never make that much headway into it. Mm-hmm. And I think because the combat looks so interesting, it looks like it looks like because I like Final Fantasy XV's combat. I don't think you do, no. but I think it's like the next step for that, where it's like Final Fantasy XV was trying to be action, but still felt sort of hampered by trying to live in this turn-based world. Where Final yeah. Fantasy VII is like stepping out of that a little bit, you know, where it's still stepping away from turn-based. You're saying? No, I'm saying like it, it's it's finding the middle ground better. Where I Final Fantasy so. XV struggled. Yeah, but I liked Final Fantasy XV's combat. I enjoyed it. So right, I think I think this will be my the time that I finally see like Final Fantasy VII through. Yeah, which is yeah. exciting. It'll be my so. first time with it too. Like I, I played it for an hour. Like I played the PC version for an hour at like a cousin's house one time. And, and so you get it. Yeah. So I had the the new Final Fantasy VII experience. But like this will be my first time. Like my yeah. my biggest concern with it is the scope of it. I think that sure. like I think I'd be more because I don't think anyone's criticism of Final Fantasy VII was that it was too short. Right. Like I don't. No, it's a it's a good length for the base game. For so sure. like. It, it feels like them trying to, like, make it appeal to fans, where it's like, hey, every aspect of this game, we're going to have, like, a much more thorough version of that story. Yeah. And I'm curious to see, like, when that is good and when that is just going to lead to, like, well, I guess I wanted to know more, but maybe not this much more. And the fact that they're, they're expanding it to, out to however many games, I'm, I'm curious to see how that will affect, like, the overall story if they will just feel like this long, very, like, uh, saga versus people who are like who already know the entire story, just learning more about like okay, here's this aspect that may not be interesting on its own, but as yeah. someone who understands the full story and wants to know more about it, right. like this is interesting. But is it going to be interesting to someone who has not approached this yeah. world before? We should point out that there are some data mined leaks and stuff about the remake out the internet. Uh, I haven't looked at that stuff, so we're not spoiling mm-hmm. anything that hasn't been released from Square or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's if this game is. 20 hours long and just focusing on Midgar, which is what I have prepped in my mind, it's like, that would be awesome, right? But in terms yeah. of, like, get, you know, they're going to get too much into the drama of Avalanche as a yeah. team, stuff like that. Like, here's four hours on Red 13 or something like that. Well, that, that would be a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> you need more time to shine. But uh, I think that ties into my main concern with Seven, even though it is my number one by a mile, is, like, I worry about the storytelling. I've had so little faith in Square for the last... 15 years, uh, just on a basic storytelling level, it's sad to say, right? Um, and so I worry about that. Even, like, you know, watching Advent Children, stuff like that, seeing my beloved Final Fantasy VII characters, and I realize I'm sounding like somebody else is saying my beloved Final Fantasy VII characters, <laughs> but uh, seeing those characters talk, like, it's always a little bit jarring, and it's just, like, those performances, I worry they're going to take me out of it. I worry some of the writing be maybe a little bit ham-fisted, and overall, I'm worried about them just hitting you over the head with Sephiroth so early, which it looks like they're doing. Like, they released screenshots. It's like, oh, it's Sephiroth in Shinra Tower very early on. Even in the demo, like, there's a flash of, like, a feather by the Mako reactor and stuff. And so I worry about them just saying, you like Sephiroth? Here's all the Sephiroth you can handle. Is Sephiroth is a bird? Is that why the feather is a bird? bird? That's oh, right. Wow. He's a little yeah. one-winged bird. There's there's also, like, the George R. R. Martin trepidation of, like, when is this actually going to end? You know, that that's one of the things that I'm that right. had me deliberating where I should put it on my list of that, like, okay, what, I may be getting, like, a third of the story now? Yeah. And how long is it going to take for the next 
I think it's going to take a long time. It's going to be Kentucky Route Zero situation where it's like, oh, yeah, play it in 10 years, and that's that's when I should have played it. I honestly think it is, especially if you think about just Midgar. They can probably reuse some art designs overall if this first game is just Midgar. Um, But then, like, the rest of the game is just pure variety, traveling the world, like – I think just art alone, they're going to get bogged down creating these next installments. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's two to three years. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nomura is known as a, as a closer, so like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm switching to like a dragon now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The other, the other, uh, you mentioned George R. R. Martin. At least with this, like, if you if you get uh, fed up waiting, like you can go find out what happened. You play a 20 hour version of the first like hour, and then you play just Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be so, so weird. <laughs> if they like redirect you at the end of the game to find out what happens next, buy this on the PlayStation <laughs> 4 store. Like yeah. uh, I forgot uh, that Nomura is co-directing this game. I think at first they announced he was directing, then they brought on co-directors and stuff. And so one of them, because uh, I went to way too deep into this stuff, is Motumu Toriyama, who's the co-director, co-director, and he started at Square working on Final Fantasy VII, doing a lot of the writing, and then he was the lead designer for the submarine section in Final Fantasy VII, oh. which... Ain't great, but we won't hold that against him. Um, Does that part be, like, blown out and be amazing now? Like, this, yeah. one, this is my baby. I'm fixing it. Final Fantasy VII Part Two: The Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so sweet. But then he also directed, like, 10-2, Lightning Returns, stuff like that. But then the fascinating one is Nojima, who is the writer. He's, like, the scenario designer for Final Fantasy VII, a lot of the early Final Fantasies, like, you know, seven, eight, nine in particular, which I guess we can call the early Final Fantasies at this point. Um, but he left. Range, I guess. Yeah, but he left Square in 2008, and now he's just doing like freelance stuff. So he came back in and wrote uh, for like Mobius Final Fantasy, that mobile game and stuff. But mm-hmm. he's coming on as the lead writer then for the Final Fantasy VII remake, which I think is really interesting. And so looking at Nojima's history a little bit, I forgot that he helped create uh, the Subspace Emissary mode for Super mm-hmm. Smash Bros. Oh, Brawl. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I looked at an old Iwata ask, because everything good in the universe and on the internet eventually leads back to Iwata ask. And here's Sakurai talking about it. He said, uh, at that point, I decided to ask Nojima-san to help us since he had composed the scenarios for titles like Final Fantasy VII. The first storyline he came up with, however, wasn't exactly what I was looking for. It went something like this. Quote, some of the characters are on a bus to the on the way to the stadium. I like it already. Samus is there. Donkey Kong is there. And Snake is watching the bus from afar. <laughs> Because it was like that. I had envisioned a more serious tone for the story, something with some misfortune, like a single character escaping the total annihilation of a squadron and then fighting back while rounding up his allies. Oh, All right. together, we worked together and successfully organized our ideas in the storyline for Subspace Emissary. So Serial is a professional Smash Brothers fan fiction writer. Yeah, what is yeah. your feedback on About that? Nojima's bus storyline. <laughs> so I think that in that scenario, I think Samus and Snake are probably more equipped to work together than <laughs> Donkey Kong. And so, like, yeah. And by work together, you mean work together. Work together. That's right. He must have watched that. Uh, you remember that old Pokemon commercial where all the Pokemon get on the bus? That was his research that for Smash. Smash, <laughs> just watched his old Pokemon. And then he just showed me the original app for Super Smash Brothers 64, where they're all just kind of in suits and beating each other yeah, up. Yeah, he said all the subspace, the only music track should be the Turtles So Happy Together. Uh, <laughs> a weird call. Um, but something with Fantasy Seven and the remake is... I don't Wait, is that why it's called Subspace Emissary? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because he's the submarine guy? Oh, oh no, that was a different guy. That's the director oh, okay. that was the sub guy. Sorry, Sorry, I didn't didn't track that joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good attempt, though. But I don't think I've paid enough attention to what Square has released that has shown that they are changing things. Obviously, it's like, okay, Sephiroth, more in the beginning, stuff like that. Because I guess they kind of have to if it's all Midgar and they want Sephiroth in that first game. But, like, they've shown that character that's a new soldier rebel, and his name is Roach. And he's the one character? Mm-hmm. He's a new character, yeah. So their official description is, Soldier Rebel Roach is always followed by the squeal of tires and the smell of burnt rubber. So he's like some other goon working for President Shinra that is on a motorcycle and it's like attacking on the motorcycle, but that's going to be a weird detail. It's like, oh, here's just a new character named Roach hmm. that I have to get used to in Final Fantasy VII. Or just weird stuff like in some of the trailers they have like these weird dark spirits kind of like flying around Tifa's bar. They've shown it in a couple of trailers, and it's just this bizarre concept of, like, what could this possibly be? I don't really understand, unless you just say some general Sephiroth freaky magic going on, but I don't know what mm. that's going to be. So you think, I think it's going to be more different than people expect. Do you think there's going to be a lot of stuff in this game that was originally cut from 7? Is that, have they know. mentioned that at all? No, they haven't. Like, we've always wanted there to be spirits at Tifa's bar, but we just couldn't <laughs> render them. We only actually make the spirits in the bottle. Yeah, will they be adding fedoras to a number of characters, or...? What is that a reference? Resident Evil. Oh, Fedora was cut, you know, in Resident Evil 2, but then they added it back for the remake. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I, they haven't really said too much. I haven't even heard stories about what was cut, what didn't make the cut for Final Fantasy VII to begin with, you know? So they, they could be pulling from that because they have Nojima on doing their storyline. I won't be surprised. What do you think the odds are that the three of us will like it more than you do? Oh, yeah. Just because, because we're, we're going in with mm-hmm. no expectations whatsoever. And but yeah. you, it's kind of like the Star Wars thing of like you yeah. have this very distinct sense of what you think this Final Fantasy VII should be, and now they're messing with it. Whereas we may just I think I do have fun. a weird Star Wars sense as well with this. I'm just I I want to see it. I'm not going to be too pissy about the whole thing yeah. if they change things. Like it it can't do damage. I don't think to my nostalgia. I've already had mm. so much Final Fantasy VII nonsense release that hasn't done any damage. Okay. I mean, even if it's a complete disaster, which I don't think it will be, it couldn't hurt it. It will be hard for you, though, to not see things and be like, oh, that's new. That's changed. For sure. Where for us, it'll be like, oh, Roach, okay. Yeah, cool. but I think it'll just, like, heighten the experience for me. I, I would so. be shocked if, at the end of the year, this game wasn't higher up okay. on my list compared to your guys. Unless one. they changed something that you actually liked about the original, though. If they made... Th- would that, like, totally screw with you? If, like we talked about last week, Red 13 is now a man who farts a lot. Yes. I would hate <laughs> mm. yeah. Whereas I would love it. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, I still think uh, the star of that show, no matter what, is going to be that soundtrack. Like, the glimpses sure. of the soundtrack they've released so far is just stunning. Uh, so I can't wait just to hear that. All right. Well, that was my number four. So Great number four, <laughs> man. Kyle Hilliard, number four. Uh, Biomutant. 
There we Ooh, go. Which is is one that like you hear about in these like bursts, and then they kind of go underground for a while. But like yeah. I just like the base concept of like playing as this anthropomorphic animal and this like maybe cyberpunky kind of like <laughs> weird futuristic world. It's almost like a Brian Jacks book or something, a sci-fi kind of like Brian Jacques. Jacques, I think it's Jacques. Red Red Wall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like that kind of approach, and like. I like that it's open world, and I like I, we talked recently about how you can. I like games where you can expand your like abilities, like your platforming abilities, and stuff like that. And yeah. it sounds like that's kind of the sort of upgrade system for that game is like you're expanding like what you can do in like an action sense. Yeah, and it just it just has a great look to it. Like I just I want to see what that game is and what's about. Like it's one of those things where like if you laid out all these you know, 2020 games out in front of me, and if I could just pick one to play, I'd be like, I am so curious what Biomutant is, because, yeah. like, there's not much history to the developer, really. And they like, came from the team that made Just Cause and okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, and yeah, team. but, like, yeah. they're generally new. Like, it's a new team, isn't it? Or am I yeah. mistaken about that? Okay, so, yeah, so that's why I'm excited for Biomutant, because I'm just very curious about what that game's going to be. For and sure. I think it just looks cool. I'm curious what a THQ Nordic budget would do to that ambitious yeah. open-world design, because it yeah. seems like a game that could balloon in a big way, so I'm curious how they can rein it in for yeah, I mean, I don't mind if it's, like, a smaller world that's yeah. condensed as long as, you know, interesting. That's also one of those games where it seems like anyone who actually sees it or, you know, goes to a demo of it or whatever is much hotter on it than kind of the basic general interest in that game. Like, yeah. I know Jeff Cork has been talking about that game for yeah. years, it seems, because I they mean, keep showing it at Gamescom. Yeah, you know, yeah. at Game Informer, it was one that we would always try to be like, we should we should look into getting this on the cover. You know, like, we, not that we had a lot of control over that. Uh-huh. Like, that was like an Andy game. Right. But, like, that was one that, like, I was always like, I would love to see that on the cover. I would like to, a deep dive on that game. You know? Right. The deepest dive, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Uh, mine when did that one come out? Um, I don't think, I think question. it's just 2020 in general. Yeah, it's right. vague. Could yeah. come out. Are we only doing confirmed games, by the way? What's that? The games that we know for sure are coming out this year. And you can you can fudge it if you need to. I mean, Biomutant Games that you think you know, are going to come out yeah, in 2020, yeah. right? Uh, mine, I'm pretty confident it's coming out in 2020, even though last year, I think, on the Game Former Show podcast, I said it's one of my most anticipated games for 2019, but it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, okay. Uh, scheduled for March 20th right now on the Switch. I am just, I'm hungry for that community. I'm hungry to be on Twitter when Animal Crossing comes out mm. and everyone's going to be so positive and sharing little things. There were, like, flavors of it with Pocket Camp. I didn't play that crap. I'm saving <laughs> all of my gusto for a new official Animal Crossing. And it's been so long since New Leaf. I think people are just going to be awash in good vibes. Yeah, it will be fun to just – because I'm not a big Animal Crossing guy, but it is – you're right. Like, looking at Twitter when that game comes out, it's going to be a lot of screenshots of cute animals saying funny things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's like, yeah, that's, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, like, the entire hook with this one, obviously, is, oh, pulling from Minecraft. They're going to have crafting in it. Uh, and you're going to, like, this island to, like, build it out. It's an unexplored island. I think that's realistically going to be the first couple hours of the game. And the rest of the game is just going to feel like an old Animal Crossing. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm ready for just that experience. I think it's going to sell – bananas on the yeah. Switch. I think everybody's going to be playing Animal Crossing in March. I think that's one that sales-wise, like, we will be sort of impressed. You know what I mean? Because, like, the Switch just has this insane install base, and that's, like, a lot of people bought a Switch to play Animal Crossing in advance. Yeah, and so, for yeah. sure. Um, and even though I say I'm excited for the community, I was thinking about it, because the big thing with this one is, like, oh, eight players can play together. You can play, what, four locally and stuff. Um, but I don't think I want to play with anybody. <laughs> Like, you, are you excited about playing with anybody else? I'm not excited about playing with Well, you're all, wrong. Really. But, no, but I'm with you. Like, I would just kind of want to be on that island by myself and explore myself yeah. and meet my own characters. And I, might, I don't want you running circles around me. Right. You know? Maybe I'll have, like, one gimmicky night where I'll check out somebody else's town, but 
I feel like, ah, they can send me a screenshot or I'll look at mm-hmm. a stream. Like, I, I'll see other towns. It's less mystical than it was back on the GameCube, right? Like, yeah. oh, we're taking the train to this other town. It's such a huge deal. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to it so much. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Are you still a human in that game? Or can you pick, like, can you be an you animal? Be human. Yeah. But you can can't. you be an animal? No. You've never been able to be an animal. The whole point is that you're crossing paths with the animals as a lone human. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a good question. I don't know. Have they? Do they call you out in Animal Crossing as being different? Hey, wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's been a while. So. Please write in if there's any hint of like them. I think they just treat you as another freak. animal. You know? Yeah. Everyone's an individual animal. I mean, so. technically we are. Technically, technically we are. You, you and me ain't nothing but that. That was the original yeah. website for Animal Crossing. They so. The end, the GameCube version that came out in America was yeah. not the first Animal Crossing, right? Or was it an upgraded? Well, it started on the 64DD okay, in yeah, Japan. Yeah. yeah. And the one that the GameCube Animal Crossing is that, not that game. I think right? it was the, a version of that game. Okay. As so far as I'm wondering, like, is there, did they miss some opportunity to like localizing those games? Must just be hell. But like, oh yeah. But like putting that N64 game on the Wii U or something like that. You know? Oh, interesting. No, I think it basically be the first. Yeah. I think okay. as far as I know, they're pretty close. Um, serial number three. Uh, my number three is Guilty Gear Strive. There we go. Mm. Oh, they got a they got a normal name this time around. Well, I mean, they 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 couldn't go any further than three X's, right? Four X. That's <laughs> that's a strategy game at that point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're, they're doing a lot of interesting things with the game. Obviously, like they're building on the the like their wonderful like Unreal Engine meets cell shading technology. So like there's a lot more animation interpolation. If you know what that is, it's basically like rather than animating individual frames and kind of making it look like a cartoon or leaning a little bit more into, like, like, like the, the models actually flowing like they're 3D models yeah. a little bit, but they're mixing that with the cartoon style. So there's, like, moments where, you know, if you get, like, a counter hit, uh, like, the, the camera pans and there's, like, a, a lot smoother action, basically. So it looks a lot better uh, than, than Excerpt, which I didn't think was possible. But, like, they're doing that, and they're, they're also kind of um, taking a step back and kind of, rebuilding the the entire engine basically they're saying okay what works in from excerpt and you know guilty gear the series and they're kind of like rebuilding the game from scratch and saying like okay let's examine all these concepts that have become like very standard in guilty gear and let's kind of figure out if they still work and if we still want to use them do you think um i think guilty gear is always amazing to look at but it's very intimidating on a couple Mm -hmm. months because any fighting game is intimidating to get into in, in some respect but then also like I'm never quite sure which is just like an iteration and when it's a good jumping in point. And this is like this one. What's it called again? Uh, Strive. Strive. Yeah. This is like whole new entry. The yeah. best jumping on point in a while. I would say so. Yeah. Like I, I think that. I mean, even Exert was that when they came back out. But like obviously they always add new iterations and they always you know make the game more complex. And the thing like they're kind of pitching it less is like okay this is for new players or whatever and more is like we're just kind of we want. We want to change so much that it doesn't matter whether you're new or a veteran. Like, everyone just has that even playing ground. And I think, in, you know, in the fighting game community, like, a lot of people have become really wary about that stuff of, like, oh, you're just kind of simplifying it. And you're making, you're dumbing it down for, like, a general audience. But I think the, the case of those has always been that, like, no matter how simple you start, like, players will always find these little, like, tweaks and, and ways to play the game that always makes it a more technical game in the long run. So I think just thinking about it as, like, just jump on now because, like, they're going to, do a lot better uh, job of introducing you to those concepts versus them having fewer concepts to deal with. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think a lot of the redesigns for a lot of the characters are interesting. Um, the way that, that, like, they're kind of focusing on, like, shorter combos that do more damage and kind of, you know, 
focusing on that aspect I think I'm really excited about. And I'm curious to see, like, because all, like, even Fighters and, and Grand Blue, which is also this year, have used that same look. But then, like, this is, like, the series that they really care about. Like, this is kind of their Mortal Kombat versus, like, Injustice or something like that. Yeah. Um, where they say, like, this is this is us, basically. Like, this, this is the core of what we want to do, and everything we do um, will be based on this, you know, kind of center going forward. Right. So, like, I mean, I'm excited. To, and, like, as someone who came onto Extra pretty late in Slice Cycle and kind of only very recently got to, to the point where it's like, oh, I think Guilty Gear is cool versus, like, I don't know, this it's another anime fighter. I'm not, like, I'm more of a Street Fighter person. So um, being on the, on the ground floor with this one, I think it's going to be exciting for me personally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential for that audience to kind of balloon just from mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Goodwill. Right. You know what I mean? From just being able to say, like, hey, those people that brought you fighters, like, this is their pillar. Right, like, you know, like this is the next thing from the from the Dragon Ball people, whereas Grand Blue is going to be like, well, if you like that, if you like that series and want another fighting game, like you can do that. But like for for people who are hardcore into Dragon Ball, like yeah. and at this point, if like, you are impressed by Dragon Ball, you're really going to be impressed by this. yeah, like this yeah. is like more technical than that. Even yeah, like, well, that's why Birthdays the New Beginning blew up because like Arc <laughs> System Wars made this. <laughs> Come on, they just published it, right? Uh, no, they developed it. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, as far as I understand, uh, Guilty Gear Strive. The release window is late 2020. Yeah, because so. Grand Blue's earlier in the year and then Guilty Gear. I have, okay. I've, I think it's reasonable that that game will probably get delayed, but I could see it. It'd be an interesting launch title. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Sure. This, I thought, is Grand Blue like a larger franchise that also yes. has RPG? It's a mobile thing, yeah. And then they're doing the, they're doing a fighting game as well? Yeah, so like Grand Blue is like a mobile game in Japan. Yeah, it's kind mobile of RPG, right? Yeah, and yeah. then they're also making it like a console RPG uh, I don't remember what the name of that is. Uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, I think. Yeah. And so that was people are excited about. Platinum right? was developing it, developing it, and then there's a weird like shift over. They're like, and you take it, and so it seems like maybe it wasn't going well, or it's just like an unusual handoff near the yeah. end of yeah. development. Yeah. But that that was more about like, hey, the, your individual skills as cooldowns, but if you want to do the actual motion, it's a little bit more powerful. But mm. okay. um, I hope they fix the netcode. I think like, you know, netcode has kind of been like the the next thing that people want fixed because like you know. Uh, rollback netcode is seen as kind of like the standard, and a lot of Japanese developers, especially, aren't taking to it um, yeah. because I think that you know they maybe do a lot of their testing in Japan, where the servers are a lot better, and so like rollback is a lot better for most other situations, um, which is interesting because like they just there was the whole thing with Street Fighter Five where. Uh, like, that game is, uses rollback netcode, but people don't like the way it's implemented, and it's kind of spotty. But I guess this modder was looking at the code and was like, oh, I think there's, like, a weird error. And, like, in two days, he fixed the netcode, basically, so that if you patch it mm. with his patch, the netcode is, like, pristine mm. in a way that it ha- has never been for Street Fighter, but only against people who have that patch. So it's this weird oh, bisecting okay. of, like... So they, they need to take that patch and implement it across the board. Right. Okay. So it's like, what is Capcom going to do that is kind of like the larger question because it's like, the, it's the fan belt thing. They don't know, you know, like, is do we would we pay them at that point? Like, I, is, this, is this a legal thing they have to get into? But, whether, but it, like, it's frustrating because, like, the fact that someone, that some random guy was able to do it in two days kind of speaks to, like, well... They leave it in on purpose, or like, what are they doing here? What, like, yeah. why, why isn't, why wasn't this fixed earlier? Yeah. But true. like, so going forward with like stuff like even arcs, like I think I still think their lobby system kind of sucks, uh, where you have to go into a virtual like arcade. Is it all like the Dragon Ball Fighters yeah. thing? So, which, oh, so there's no, there's not a lot of like direct. Like, I just want a game. I just want to make a lobby with my friends and, and yeah. play that. So I hope, I hope they don't do that this time around. I hope they actually have good code. But yeah, uh, I'm excited to just play that game. You know, on a basic level. Definitely. Jeff Fava, number three. Yeah, number three. I think it's coming out in 2020 oh, in, in case I missed anything, but it would be 
Watchdog Legion. There it is. So it's an ambiguous window where Ubisoft was delayed, but in this fiscal mm. year, so it's going to come out between April and March of next year. So most likely this year, right? Close enough. Probably we're, March. We're going to count it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that I'm excited, I. I still am like one of the outspoken people who like the first Watch Dogs, yeah. even though that game gets dumped on all the time. You people know, just dump on Aiden, right? Yeah, which, and I did too. I I totally hated him, and I said so in my review. What? Yeah. A, mm, yeah, I mean, the, the first entry in that game sold a lot of bad seeds for that series that I don't think it's maybe yeah. fully recovered. Mm-hmm. I think Watch Dogs 2 did a lot of good for that series. Yeah, which yeah. then everyone loved Watch Dogs 2, and it's like... Core gameplay is still very similar. But they've been selling yeah. great no matter what, right? Yeah. So, yeah. There were uh, three, so. <laughs> but yes, there is so, actually. Wow. The the reason that I like it so much, though, is because it's all systems driven this time, and it and it gets into molding for Holden territory with me. <laughs> uh, I like that's become like a phrase now. Yeah, which, which is that they, they have created it so that you can recruit anyone, and those those characters kind of make up your crew, and then they are the ones who are in all, like, the story kind of just yeah. dynamically revolves around them as a group. And, yeah. But then as you're playing, if one of your characters dies, there's a permadeath angle to it. And that, so that, that, is, that is legit one of my, like, fantasy dream games, like, those kind of concepts in them. That's why I was always so super interested in Stage Decay, which, Love you know, yep. had its own problems. I kind of dropped it down a notch, but... For for Ubisoft to do that in one of their open world games, which they are still very good at making, uh, has me very excited. For sure, and especially with Clint Hawking at the mm-hmm. helm. I love that he's swinging big, going back to old Splinter Cell days, stuff yeah. like that. He's been kind of Far Cry 2. He's been mm-hmm. rambling around the industry, yeah. and now he's coming he, home. And I he's love that. willing to take those kind of you know like crazy. Like when when they started announcing this stuff, it's like this is insane. Like, yeah. why Why would Ubisoft take this kind of risk? It's the kind of risks we want them to take, but yeah. they're actually doing it for one. Yeah. The thing that bums me out mm-hmm. is that apparently you can't recruit anybody out of the gate. That it, like, unlocks. Mm-hmm. By the end of the game, you can recruit absolutely anybody, but at least at E3, where they were framing it, it's like, well, it'll be gated, so you can only unlock, I don't know what the gate is exactly, like, level one pedestrian sure. at this point, something mm-hmm. like that, which I want that thrill Immediately, but you know, yeah, what are you do? It, it'll be an interesting problem because, like, I, I, I'm super on board with the idea of it being a decentralized narrative where it's not like it's not like one guy doing everything and he's like, you know, uber competent and like able to do whatever. I like the idea of like, well, this person did this part of the like the the thing that we needed to do to overthrow the regime and like how it split across that way. But I have to imagine that presents like a huge like narrative problem of like how do we like write like a, a through line around this yeah. that, that, is, that isn't super muddled and has to account for people dying. Yeah. And to be clear, this may be a complete disaster. It'll be an interesting disaster, yeah. though. Yeah. Like Far Cry 2. That I want them to take those chances. Yeah. And, like, I've never I've never had a lot of faith in, like, the narratives of these games, as, as we've talked about with some of the characters and the story elements. So not having actual specific characters, yes, could be a a huge headache, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're trying. And, I, I, and that's interesting to me. Yeah. Like, the emergent narrative of that, even when they were just showing the demos where it's like they have a character, you know, going through on this mission, and then all of a sudden they're just dead and they're gone. And, and, you know, they have other characters talking about it that, like, yeah, this person's gone. And knowing that you are the cause of that, you know, in a story setting is super interesting. Especially, yeah, I mean, if it detracts from the power of the main story, 
fifty percent, whatever it is, totally worth it in my yeah. mind. Just to have those mm-hmm. moments of like, Rebecca, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, you you, you have know. like you yeah, have Rebecca, a, Rebecca moments, yeah. And <laughs> like you have a character that I, they've talked about, like you know, demo like different scenarios and stuff where it's like you have one of those characters and they get captured yeah and then you have a mission where you can go you know free your your other character that you have like mm-hmm. that kind of storytelling emergent storytelling yeah. stuff is super interesting too, yeah which I, ho- I hope it all works but yeah i'm excited to play it sweet kyle number three number three speaking of ubisoft open world games uh i'm really excited for gods and monsters there we go which is another one of those that's like might slip into 2021 and i wouldn't be surprised it's in the same window as Watch yeah. Dogs, so no one really knows but they originally announced it for february of 2020 so if they're that confident that it could come out that early yeah i mean i, I hope so i i just like the because like the premise is kind of like you know the it's the setting not the setting, but, like, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you know, that sort of Greek-inspired world, but, like, maybe leaning into the more fantasy side of things. Yeah. And, like, I mean, Breath of the Wild is, like, front and center, right? It's like no, a, no, no. Ubisoft described it very clearly. It's an open world with a painterly look. It has nothing to do <laughs> with Breath of the Wild. But absolutely, I mean, that's yeah. why I think we're both barking up this tree. Yeah, I just, I mean, I like the idea of Ubisoft sort of playing that game and being like, I don't, and, it, you know, who knows if it, it's, I don't think it was that direct. I don't think they played Breath of the Wild and they're like, yeah, look, we could do something like this. But I, I'm sure, like, as they're developing and they looked at Breath of the Wild and, like, you know, hope it probably influenced it in some ways. But, yeah. like, I just, I'm just, I, and it also, I'm kind of excited about it being, and I don't even know if this is fair, but it almost feels like a PG, PG-13 kind of, like, window for, like, an open-world Ubisoft game. Yeah, for which, sure. Which, like, I'm, I'm into. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, an open-world game where I'm not necessarily slicing around with yeah. a sword, you know? And so the entire framing is a little bit like... Well, um, I'm, I'm sure you will have a sword, by the way. I just, I mean, like, severing off limbs and blood flying everything. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, those... those Gods can be really spooky. They're robots. <laughs> Monsters are right there. It's very frightening. Um, but, yeah, speaking to that younger age, like it's framed a little bit like Princess Bride, where apparently the entire game is going to be framed where it's Homer telling his oh, that, grandkids. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Telling his grandkids about, oh, the crazy adventures of Phoenix, who's the main character, right? Uh, and then the kids, because Homer's using a magical liar to tell the story they can like see it and so throughout the game apparently like the kids narration will be popping up like did that really happen that way gramps and stuff i want to play fortnite (laughs) (laughs) see that all and now that's like a prince of persia sands of time kind of yeah yeah. i really enjoy too like i love in sands of time when you would die the prince would be like oh oh, actually hold on that's not how that happened i bet they're gonna be pulling from that that, and i'm so excited about it because it's ubisoft Quebec who made syndicate and, and assassin's creed odyssey and the part that blows my mind, looking into it, it's the same director, this Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Dumont, who, same director as Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So like, oh, he's been busy. <laughs> I don't know how he made that leap, but like, it'll feel like even though it's new IP, and I love seeing new IP this late in the generation. Yeah, yeah. But it's new IP that is so built on that exact team's experience with Assassin's Creed Odyssey that it'll feel like it'll have a little bit of that refinement of like a sequel. Yeah. In a way, you know, because it's like that's the way they described it too. It's like, oh, we loved Assassin's Creed. But we had so many ideas about a more, like, fantastical version of this story. Yeah. Let's make this beautiful-looking version of that. Yeah, I like the idea of exploring, yeah, like, the more fantasy, sort of colorful version of, you know, Greek mythology is, is, is exciting. For so, sure. And yeah. they released a surprising amount of stuff, like, in this little Ubisoft-done interview on their site and stuff. Apparently, the island's called the Isle of the Blessed. Uh, let's see. You play as Phoenix, a customizable hero. The gods of Olympus have fallen to Typhon, the most fearsome monster in Greek mythology, and it'll be up to you to save them. Uh, 
we follow the story of a forgotten hero who sets on the quest to save the Greek gods. What's going to be weird is, like, you're going to be saving Greek gods. You're going to be getting new abilities along the way. Like, oh, this god will let you double jump and explore new areas. So it's like, like reverse god of war. It's like Exactly. <laughs> you're going and rescuing gods. But then thinking about reverse god of war, but also it's going to be a weird simpatico thing with Hades, which we played mm-hmm. on the Great Goaty Hunt, yeah. super giant, of, like, encountering Greek gods, and then they give you abilities based on their god powers. Yeah. But it seems like a great format for a game. Yeah, I'm so I'm excited for it. I, I'd like to see it this year, but I, it's one of those ones where, like, if it gets pushed into 2021, if that press release comes through it, I'm not going to be super surprised, you know? Also, I forgot that it was coming to Switch. Yeah. I'm excited about that, too. Are you going to play the Switch version? Oh, yeah, of course. What if it chugs a little? Chugs a little. I'll probably still play it on Switch. Really? I mean, I, like, that's what I, and maybe it was a mistake with Bloodstain, but that's what I did with mm-hmm. Bloodstain, because I just, the, the ability to play on the go, I just, like, I have so much more availability to play Switch than I do console games. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, 90-10%. Where are you playing these games, Kyle? What, what do you mean? Purely oh, when, the when you're on the go. Just sitting in my oh, bed when my yeah. kid's watching TV and stuff like that. You know, that kind of thing. Door so, locked. You know, on the go. On the go. I just walk around the house playing. Mm-hmm. On the toilet when you got to go. And then I bring my Switch go. with me uh, in all these situations where I know I'm not going to play. Like, I brought it with me today. I'm not going to play Switch while. <laughs> I mean, no. that's no. You could be playing. What if there was a whole podcast where you were just playing the Switch the whole time? Yes. I won't fire you. <laughs> uh, not for that, anyway. That's right. <laughs> Uh, my number three is a game that has not been announced yet, which is shady, but the leaks have been so strong, it very much seems like it's on the way. The Call of Duty Battle Royale. Oh. Um, whether or not that's okay. connected to Modern Warfare. A standalone game? Well, we don't know, right? If okay. I had to guess, well, I would think that it's connected. <laughs> yeah, right. so I think it's, it hurts to guess. <laughs> I bet it will be released in the next couple months, and it will be connected to Modern Warfare. It will be something you buy free? Oh, I mean, you don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be separate from whatever Call of Duty they're planning to release. Yeah, year. well, it seems like it's going to be Black Ops 5 this year is what Kotaku was rumoring mm-hmm. to say, but this is going to be a separate thing. I do think it's connected to Modern Warfare. I believe that this thing is real, um, but the release structure, I have no idea. So maybe they'll release it a little bit like they did with Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, right, where it's like connected to Infinite Warfare at the time, and then back in June of that year is when they released Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered standalone. So mm-hmm. maybe they do a similar structure where, like, first half of the year within the next month and a half or something, they release it as Modern Warfare kind of DLC and then have a standalone version that can be more adaptable moving forward. Yeah. I mean, they just they just need a free game on the digital storefront that just says Call of Duty Battle Royale. 100%. Right? That would be the I smartest mean, move. And, like, I think and they, they could get away it with it. Like, it becomes yeah. Call of Duty's first stab at a live service right. game, right? And this is where the beauty of competition... I like the mobile game. But right, no. right. But uh, the biggest competition comes into play because you think about, like, Apex Legends has set a pretty good standard for a free-to-play battle royale and now, mm-hmm. like, to hold Activision to that. of like, all right, don't nickel and dime us, you SOBs, because we can go <laughs> over to Apex Legends if we want. Like, I would love for EA and Activision to battle in that space because I just – I would love another battle royale experience uh, in, with the Call of Duty mechanics. But there were those leaks that say it's going to be, like, a 200-player count mm-hmm. uh, and those things about, like, if you die, you can get a chance – to be revived by doing a 1v1 in a gulag and stuff. Like, yeah. It sounds really fun. It, yeah, all that stuff sounded really interesting. I worry about how convoluted and practical that might be for more casual players, selfishly like yeah. myself, where it's like, oh, yeah, I could if I first... First, my teammate has to figure out where the gulag is, and he has to go there and then do something. Well, I think it's just like a revive token. I think it's a little bit like Apex Legends. I don't think it'll be too common. I hope Your so. teammates won't be that helpful, I promise. Mm-hmm. You'll just be dead most of the time. What do you think the Black Ops 5 logo looks like? 
five stripes, five, four stripes, <laughs> and like a cross through them? Mm-hmm. Is it like a V? It's a V, it's, right? Yeah. Maybe a V. It's just going to be David Vonderhaar going, I don't know. <laughs> Making a V. Yeah. I think... YMCA logo. <laughs> I think in the rapid fire we did for Call of Duty Black Ops 4, I think I think one of the questions I asked him was, Black Ops 5 is just a stupid name, right? And he says, well, some people think 4 is a stupid name. <laughs> I would not be surprised if the official Call of Duty coming out this fall then is just Black Ops 5. Black Op, singular. Oh, that's very uh, smart. And then the S is the 5. Uh, yeah. Change uh, 5 is the PS5 logo, actually. Uh, yeah. Nail it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're haunted. <laughs> no reason, no reason. They actually uh, have ghosts in the bar in this one, actually. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was cut from the original Battle Royale, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number two, Serial. Uh, no More Heroes 3. Wow, okay. Um, I th- So for a while, I've been kind of down on Suda's games in, in um, recent years. Cause, like, not because they're bad. That, this but is you being down on his games? Well, because, <laughs> like, everything before strikes again. Basically, like it, like he was making like decent games, but they always felt like, okay, what if we made like a hack and slash game, but it was kind of kooky or like what what guy and stuff. Yeah, so like, but they felt like fairly traditional structurally, which is the reason I fell in love with Suda games because is like they did feel very surreal both in like concept and in execution. Like Number Heroes is a game where you're doing part time jobs to to like work your way up in a list of assassins, and it's like an open world game sort of, but not really. Um, so, like, Travis Strikes Again kind of proved that he could still make that kind of very weird off-kilter game for me. Suda Strikes Again. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, uh, seeing, like, the, I it, it mean, the goddamn superhero trailer, like, that fake-out was kind of, like, the the story it, it's telling itself isn't super interesting, but, like, the fact that he's willing, like, that signals a, lo- a larger shift in his approach. I right. actually disagree with you on that. I think mm-hmm. that trailer was super interesting, and the story that they were telling there like got me more interested in really? playing No More Heroes three than like anything has at this point. Really, mm-hmm. you seen it? It's basically yeah. like I mean, it was at the game. It was at the game yeah, awards. So. Like that because I didn't fully understand what it was when I started watching it, and I was like, "This is really interesting. What is this?" And then it almost became a twist that it was like No More Heroes. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. I so that actually is super exciting. Okay. I really like that trailer a lot. But, like to me, it feels like that trailer is like a prologue and not like going to be the story of the game yeah but it at least sets the table right, right? like yeah, that, yeah. that and that's why table setting I, is i'm really excited cool more for that yeah. reason and a lot pulling a lot of stuff seeing that it is going to pull from travis strikes again because like there's a a not so subtle allegory about like john ricatello in travis strikes again like oh, that, really? that character is supposed to be uh an allegory for john ricatello and a part of number Part of Strikes Again's narrative is how disappointed he was with the development of uh, Shadow of Strikes Again, or uh, uh, Shadow of the Damned. Um, and Wait, how, did they have a character that looks like John Ricatello? There's a, there's a character who I, I forget his specific name, but his name is like super similar to John Ricatello, and he's like <laughs> a, he's a mega, mega maniacal maniac in that game. What? And so like, it, and he's that's the character that like the goddamn superhero trailer follows, and so like. Because he's like the C- when you when the aliens invade, he's like a CEO, he's like a rich guy, and he's yeah. like, he's a CEO. So it's like he, I'm guessing he is going to be he's the bad guy who controls all the the, the things you're trying to kill in Normal Heroes Three. Yeah, uh, and so like that part of it is super interesting. Like how how he's it, like the fact that he's not, it's not just like a one off joke, and it's like I want to make this about this specific thing. I love that. Uh, it's super cool, and like I watching like I went back and watched like some some videos of like Normal Heroes, and I remember like the comedy game I actually really like, and so like see, seeing how he's going to build on that and how that's going to work. I, I'm like I haven't seen any gameplay of it. Uh, the only thing that I'm not super into is like I don't think the look of it looks super interesting. Doesn't feel doesn't feel like um, it's making 
like it doesn't look super great to me. Like the models is and stuff. Is it just a matter of being a Switch exclusive? Maybe, but like there are better looking Switch games, I think. But well, you know, I haven't seen. The, I, yeah, I haven't seen the game in action, but like I, I'm excited to see. Like I'm hoping that he he takes that normal years formula and kind of uses it to tell a more off-kilter story uh, than he has been in recent years, and, it, it, and that it's more that, like, Strive Strikes again. So uh, I'm excited about a studio game for, like, more than I have been in a long time, which is, yeah. which is pretty cool. And still ambiguous 2020 release date. Yeah, it's like a 2020. Yeah. Okay. I also awesome. showed Travis, like, getting to a stop, like Connie does. Yeah, era, so he, he, he does that. He, some, he makes some it. Some on board. Yeah. Okay. I love that in games or movies or anything when they try and attack like a real CEO, but making a villain or some dumb person mm-hmm. in the game look like that. Like I think like of a like, DLC in near. What's that? There's a DLC in near where you fight the CEO of. Oh, that's Square. right. But that's like very direct, and okay. that's also very fun. But I love like the subtle jabs. Like even mm. I think I remember hearing in the development of The Incredibles. Mm. That, like, uh, they're coming up with character designs for Syndrome, and then Redbird's like, yep, I love it. And then later on, I was like, wait a minute. That's Syndrome me. looks like me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the monster yeah, yeah. that screams at everybody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be damned. I'm Jason Lee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, Jeffum? Yeah, number two is Ghosts of Tsushima. Oh, great. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but... I am excited for it because it's coming from Sucker Punch, and I've always liked their open-world games, but I'm also excited to see them get out of the infamous kind of churn, you know, and do... It it feels like like that first infamous game established a blueprint of what they... of kind of their approach to open-world games, and I want to see, you know, after a decade or more... Yeah. ...for them to, to see... To kind of reset, you know, the blueprint and do do kind of the next iteration of what they what they want from an open world game. And I think for me, the setting and the historical time period is super interesting, you know. And the everything that I've seen from it, like it it is just visually stunning already. Yeah. And and they it looks like they have they have put a lot of time into making it authentic as well. You know, they've I saw one thing that said that they went to Japan to record sounds of birds so that the birds are authentic to what Japanese birds sound like. Or at least on this island. Yeah, and, and, and there's, there's a weird story, too, that I heard where I think it was... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shuhei Yoshida was talking about it where that a bunch of people from PlayStation and Sucker Punch went to scout out the actual island of Tsushima. I believe that's an island, right? Um, sure. And that, like, the local newspaper wrote a big story about it. About, like, 
Check out all these PlayStation developers here scanning objects on Tsushima from Sucker Punch. And, like, apparently that story was out there and just nobody in the game press found really? it. Really? Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Right. that's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about that game. But it is it is mostly, maybe even entirely, just based on Sucker Punch. Because I love Sly Cooper. I love the Infinite series. More Robots than, more on than Wheels. Most. Rob, right, or Rad, or something like that. I never played it, but um, uh, yeah, and and like the, I just because they've been sort of uh, out of the loop for a while. Like they just haven't. It's after Second Sun DLC came out, like they haven't really. I haven't heard anything from them. So like, yeah. I'm just super excited to see what they have next. And like the setting is cool, but like it's really secondary to me to just see what's coming next from Sucker Punch. Because I, in some ways, I almost feel like they're like an underrated developer. Like when people so. talk about. Naughty Dog and Insomniac. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Sucker Punch should be in that circle as well. They are for me, so I just I want to see what they're doing. Next. Well, I think everything I, I've seen just looks exciting. It's you know? because I feel like they've been pretty dormant this generation. Like they had they have fun, been. right? Yeah, but yeah. It kind of made me want to go back. Should I play that Infamous First Light? I never played that DLC. You know, it's a standalone thing. That'd be kind of fun to play even yeah. before I mean, the Shino came comes out. Like Infamous, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, like enough, of, yeah. it's like a new set of powers. You know, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And yeah. and that's that's the kind of thing where it's just like. And I think that's one of the reasons that they're not talked about in that tier is it's, they've just been in infamous mode for so long mm-hmm. yeah. that people are ready for them to step out and do something. Kind of like Gorilla also, you know, with right. Horizon, where it's like, holy crap, like they can they can do so much more than they have kind of been stuck in that rut. But what's crazy is it's such a hurdle to create new IP mm-hmm. uh, for a studio even as talented as Sucker Punch, right? So they've been working so long to create Ghost of Tsushima, and it's been... I guess if you include the DLC, it's been, what, like six years now to yeah, create this new like IP? That, yeah. That's why you got to tip the cap even more to Gorilla for creating Horizon Zero Dawn in, what, three and a half years? Mm-hmm. A whole new IP? A whole new genre? Like, yeah. that's mind-boggling. They didn't have to fly to Japan to scan rocks. And that is true. And hide from the paparazzi. All their birds are yeah. fake. <laughs> and all these birds are robots. <laughs> and they, I mean, they were also talking about, you know, they've hired, like, historical sword fighting experts to make sure that the sword fighting is authentic and yeah. stuff. And I think yeah. they've, they've put a lot of emphasis so far on the story, which they've also, you know, talked about they've been drawing from Kurosawa films and all this kind of things. And I'm, I don't know what to expect from the story, but I yeah. like that the story is more of a focus for an open world game because that's not always the case, too. And again, the setting in the historical time period and stuff like that really it's does all, it for me. It's also well. exciting to have someone other than Ubisoft sort of trying to make it sort of a historically accurate mm-hmm. game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ubisoft has been doing that. Like they, they, they're the only ones that have been doing that for, like, what feels, what, like 15 years now at this mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, yeah and, it's very exciting. Yeah, and some of the, I think the latest trailer had a montage of just different locations, and, I mean, it's just gorgeous, yeah. and there's so much variety in there, and it's, it's all places where it's like, man, I want to go and live there, you know, <laughs> much less play a game there. That's super exciting. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what the actual, like, gameplay loop, if we're using a very reductive term, uh, is like. Yeah. Because they showed, like, the one thing of gameplay that I saw was, like, maybe stealth-based, where it's, like, he snuck up on a guy and he stabbed him. But, like, what is the, like, what is the long-term, how, how does this game play over the long term? Are you collecting is, things? Yeah. You yeah. know, like, are you fast-traveling places? Right. Like, yeah. what, like it, how much of that sword fighting are you doing? Is it, like, a you know, here are five guys that you're, you're killing, or is it, like, every once in a while there's, like, one opponent that you kind of, that basically acts as a boss? Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number two. Love it. Uh, deep Cut, my favorite Sucker Punch fact, uh, was back at GameCon when we visited the studio and made a video about, like, the origins of Infamous. And in that, they talked about, like, pitching new IP in that generation. So it would have been around, like, the end of the PlayStation 2 and stuff when they were talking about Sony. Sony. Cooper, right? Yeah. yeah, and they pitched Sony. I think they were still third-party at this point. 
and they pitched Sony on a game called Uncharted. Yeah. That was about exploring an island filled with dinosaurs. And Sony's mm. like, hmm, interesting. And the I island originally know. had ghosts in it, <laughs> right, but they had to right. cut those out. So it's very weird. Then, like, oh, not because of Uncharted, but like, I can't imagine. I would love to know how it actually happened, but yeah. the way they described it was like, it's just the word Uncharted. Like, it's reasonable it's that good. two studios came up with the same name. It's yeah. not like Sony was secretly channeling that name, but maybe they did. Well, that'd be interesting too. I mean, it's a good name for a game, just even outside of, you know, where it landed. It could be anything. It's yeah. just exploring something that's unexplored. You know? Yeah, there we go. Uh, number two, Kyle? Resident Evil 3. That's right. Remake, um, which is really just off the back of how much I like Resident Evil 2. Like, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for 3. I played it for the first time in 2000. 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Um, we are going to fact check you, so you got to check my Vita yeah. save file and stuff. But I just, I liked, uh, I, I'm, I, I like Resident Evil 2 so much that I just want to, I want more of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to see what, the, and there's also, there were like little things that I heard, like they announced that, uh, that I guess 3 had multiple endings, and I guess the remake isn't going to. Which is, like, weirdly exciting to me. Like, I would rather just have, like, one campaign to go through. Like, even two, I didn't, like, they're the two campaigns you choose from. I would rather have just everything take place in, like, one campaign, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it just, I'm curious how they're going to implement Nemesis. Like, it's, Resident Evil 2 is so good. I'm just excited yeah. to see what's next. Did and you I like, do want to, I'll check out the multiplayer game. Like, I like that yeah. they're packaging that all together. I think that's smart. I think, yeah, the asymmetrical stuff, I'm curious yeah. to see what that's like. I'd like to, you know, maybe it's because some D&D stuff coming through, but, like, I think I'd like to have somebody just mess with me and my game. That seems fun. Yeah. But, um, did you watch the latest trailer? Uh, I don't think I did. Is that recently? Like, Uh, in the last couple days? Yeah, Uh, yeah. It It had me a little bit concerned. It looks good, obviously, but I think what I'm excited about with Nemesis is for just a more dynamic Nemesis, and the trailer was very cinematics-heavy, so it was just a lot of cinematics of Nemesis busting through a wall and attacking Jill and everything, which is which is all well and good, but I just hope that they carry forward and have it not be... I hope that he's flexible and that it's not as set PC sure. as it was yeah. in Resident Evil 3. I want him to actually be dynamic and stalking you in a Mr. X yeah. style way. I mean, there are definitely important set piece moments that, like, they just... That will be there, you know, just... But yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, I hope he's doing more interesting things between those yeah. moments, right? Apparently yeah. he has new moves where he can, like... I don't think this is in the original, but some sort of, like, tendril that he can, like, reach out and grab you with and stuff so okay. he doesn't just have the bazooka. So, cool. Yeah, check out that trailer, dude. I will. Uh, my number two is Gods and Monsters. Hey! Covered. Serial. We did it. Uh, number so one. I made this list before we knew that restriction, so, like, uh, <laughs> before I knew about, like, the confirmed thing. But, like, uh, my number one is maybe, like, right now a tie between... Uh, Half-Life Alex and um, Breath of the Wild 2 fits out this year. Just go with Half-Life Alex. Okay, right? so Half-Life Alex. There it is. Um, I'm very excited to see what Valve does with VR and in their next major single-player game. Uh, just because, like, like if, if any game is going to draw people to, to VR for that particular game, it's going to be this. And so I think for most VR games, it's hard to, like, break out of that. Like, well, if you have a VR headset, this is something you should play. Yeah. But... Don't you know? Don't necessarily go out of your way to buy a VR headset just for this, right? Uh, and it's like it's really seeing at an interesting time where it's like you can also make that argument, right? Like that you can get uh, a VR headset for Half Life Alex, but then you also have like you know Beat Saber and you know Pistol Whip and a couple of other names that like you have a backlog. That yeah, you that you can you can. Yeah. So it's like it's almost it's like a pretty good time for this game to come out to just say, to just have someone 
to, to push someone over the edge of getting a VR headset, and I'm interested to see, like, Valve did not want to make another Half-Life game unless they had a good idea for it, and if, you know, VR is as good a technical reason to release another Half-Life as they're going to get. So I'm curious to see, like, uh, just, just to answer the question, like, um, it, are were other developers just kind of, like, not figuring out the tech, and, like, is Valve going to be, like, the one that's, like, no, you, like, you cannot play this game outside of VR, which is, I think, it's a fair criticism of the game of, like, well, I'm going to have to spend, you know, however much money to get the most out of this game. It's kind of, like, I don't know that I want to buy a good PC and then also a VR headset for this, so there is kind of a high barrier to entry. Um, but, you know, like, on the same side, I would want them, like, I would prefer that they not make a game that you can, that you can play on a regular PC, because otherwise, what's the point of putting yeah. it in VR? You want right. them to push the envelope. Right. Yeah. I, I want to make a, I, I want them to make as strong a case as possible for, like, oh, playing games in VR can actually, like, playing, like, the kinds of games that we want to play in VR, which is, like, these major story-based and not just, like, here's a fun game that we came up with and we're going to make get the most out of it. Um, I want to see that happen. And, and, like, I'm a pretty big, like, um, Half-Life fan. I, like, I I like I like one a lot. I love two uh, and, you know, the episodes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what they do and what a Half-Life game looks like now when shooters are so different. And is this going to feel like a relic or are they going to have, like, so many new ideas that are going to remind us of, like, oh, Valve... It was, like, at one point one of the preeminent, you know, people in the first-person shooter Will field. people say daddy's back or not? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited to go back to that world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that world is rich and interesting. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It's a little weird, like, it, it, how in Congress it's going to feel like, oh, yeah, the city was like, oh, it looks so good. And then in a couple months it's going to look like something out of 2014. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. It, like, see, I, I, that is a thing I'm willing to very easily toss aside to see a yeah. new Half-Life game. Yeah. For sure. Jefflin, number one. Yeah, number one was Cyberpunk. And oh, I wow. just uh, want to reiterate that I think a lot of the, the through line for a lot of my choices were it's just a company taking the kind of risks that we want to see from yeah. people. And for, for Cyberpunk, I feel like CD Projekt Red is one of the hottest developers at this point right now. And, yeah. like, and they are taking a crazy huge risk doing this completely different kind of genre and setting and all those kind of things. And it may very well end up being a disappointment for what people are expecting from it right now. But mm-hmm. I'm just happy when developers actually, they don't just sit at the top and say, okay, let's make Witcher 4. We, you right. know, they, like, they could have made this, another Witcher This is what's going to sell. Like, yeah. let's do something crazy. Let's We're going to put a ton of time and investment. Same thing with Ghost of Tsushima where it's like, we're going to have to invest a ton into trying to do this new thing, and it's scary, and we don't know how it's going to turn out, but let's go for it. Do you think the development's going to be hurt by their small-scale Witcher game that they're releasing this year as well, according to Serial <laughs> Vance? I never said that they would be the ones to make it. Oh, tricky. It could be based on this, like, the Netflix series. Like, that's, that's, right. what, that's the reason I was banking on it, right. because, like, some company's going to make a Witcher game. Yeah. I didn't say Did you listen to last week's episode, by the way? Yeah. Was it frustrating? Made fun of me. I think the only like, the legs of Kimbo is such a phrase. What? When you guys describe what kind of games would be made for me, you guys were all you guys said what? I'd be into pervy stuff. And at some point, you said <laughs> you don't like legs of Kimbo. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Can't say I'm a fan of that. Phrase, but <laughs> when, when it when it used to describe me, I guess. <laughs> uh, do you think there is a developer that currently has more goodwill than City Project Red? Like, not just okay, factored in like. Spirit Bomb and Dragon Ball, mm. right? Like, so all the players, all the goodwill they've had for their games, so they have to be popular. Like, I think it's somebody like Supergiant has a ton of goodwill, but obviously their fan base is smaller than CD mm-hmm. Projekt Red's. Is there any developer that could get a larger Spirit Bomb than CD Projekt Red right now? Mm. 
I think remember I think maybe respawn, but like I feel like that even dipped. Mm-hmm. Like Apex, it was super high within the couple weeks, but now it's it's kind of kind of down and up. And, and the people that have played Apex Legends for eight months have a lot of yeah. complaints about very specific things at this point, right? I mean, CDPR has had their stumbles, like you know yeah. some of their stuff around labor practices and, and some of their social yeah. media managers mm-hmm. oh, no uh, have, have, <laughs> had, have had major stumbles. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's it's hard not to refer them in some sense because of like. It, their origins is like, oh, we were just kind of like more or less kind of pirating games a little bit. So like, their their origins are pretty cool. Like they're, they're from a region that you don't see, you don't hear a lot of uh, out of, you know, relatively yeah. uh, compared to like stuff like San Francisco or Japan and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's really cool to see them kind of become who they are, especially when considering like when Witcher 2 came out even, I was like, guys, these CDPR guys are really smart about making games. You know, their last game wasn't super good, but like... Stick your legs to Kimbo games. Yeah, right. Shut up. Yeah, plus they still put little notes, I think, in every physical release. It's like, thank you for buying our game. We worked really hard on it. It's like the Pixar... They have the directors come in before the film starts, and they're like, we worked really hard on this. I love it, but what I hate is then when they roll clips from the trailer during that. It was like, don't show me the middle (laughs) of the movie right before I'm about to watch it. Anyways, uh, number one, Kyle? My number one honorary Breath of the Wild 2 mention, I suppose. Okay. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I'm glad someone talked about it. uh, But my number one is uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, okay. That was the, that's the one, like I said, if all these 2020 games are laid out in front of me, that's the one that I would pick up and be like, I want to play this right now. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a good way to put it. If they're all yeah. right in front of you, what do you pick up? What are your top five? Yeah. Um, that's what we should have done. No. Ah, uh, mine's Final Fantasy VII. Oh, really? Remake, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm very good. much looking forward to it. Uh, let's yeah. see. Other details I didn't get to. Uh, they released a screenshot of what looks like the Materia equipment screen, and it looks like the planetarium in Cosmo Canyon, so a fun connection. <laughs> There, mm. where you get the huge material as well. I understand so, these things. I, yeah. love, I love how nerdy you get into your life. Because I think about, like, what game would I get this insanely? Like, I would just uh, devour every little bit. And, pe- and it's like, maybe if they, re- if they really remade Ocarina of Time at that right. level, that's yeah. the game that I would be like, I would devour every little detail the way you have been devouring. Right. Right. But imagine if Ocarina of Time had, like, a rich world to devour. Mm. It do. Burn. It do, baby. It's a lovely world. I wouldn't <laughs> call it rich. I just like that you're telling you're telling us all these anecdotes when none of us know anything about <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. No, I'm taking the Emily Reese tip. I'm yeah. telling the one person listening I'm, to my voice right now. I well, like then it. look at the camera you're, when you do it, not us. Your excitement is infectious. So oh, that's very sweet. Um, other games in 2020? Run down a hot list. Uh, yeah. Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal. Yeah, that was that was on my short list. It was too. interesting because like I remember when that game came out and everyone was like super like excited about it and I was one of the people who was like it's good I really liked it but it's like I don't think it's like game of the year material but it's like that that kind of put into perspective uh, like how many of my I don't know for you guys but like how many conversations I tend to have of like I like it it's not that good but like. The, like the more I learn about Doom Return, I was like, oh right, I really like this game. Maybe it will be game of the year material. Maybe if it builds on the stuff that you know Doom 2016 did. But like watching that trailer and hearing like that that make Gordon just like heavy ass metal. Like I I really want to play that game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's coming out March 20th. Uh, yeah, 2020, so same day as Animal Crossing. So be, I mean, I'll be killing demons, <laughs> and you'll be like trying to build them a home or whatever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Remember when the credit director? Left? Didn't Marty Stratton leave id? Wait. Yeah, he did, right? Yes. I believe that happened. Am I losing my mind? Saying, then yes, we all remember it. Okay. Uh, Other games people want to shout out? Uh, The. I'm sorry, Kim Willits was the one that left id. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we all knew that. Uh, The Last of Us 2, which I. I'm not going to say that I, I'm anticipating it. It I I am in a Star Wars position of it where it's like 
I don't necessarily need more of this, but I know that when I sit down and I play through it, I'm going to love it. Okay. Yeah. You know? That is shocking that none of us had it on the list. I'm yeah. sure people are screaming. I mean, my, my sort of... Because like, the funny thing about that is, like, well, I talked about Little Nightmares 2 and how, like, I didn't think that game needed a sequel. But when they announced it, I was like, oh, you know what? I do kind of want to read this that. Where Last of Us 2, when they announced the sequel, I was like, hey, I don't know if I'm really eager, but, like, but I'm with Jeff. I'm like, when we play that game, I think it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, excitement level, I'm not really eager to feel sad and uncomfortable while really witnessing these violent scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, crying my eyes out. I'm more excited, and this is twisted, but I'm more excited just to see the production than I am the story. I mean, Naughty Dog, to me, like, their strength is performance capture, more so than, like, gameplay, even. Like, that is the thing that I get excited about with a Naughty Dog game, is, like, seeing performances from actors and how yeah. they're sort of digitized. You even know? though they and, still like, animate the faces compared to just capture, which is stunning. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, all those faces yeah. are still hand-animated. I know That's they're crazy. like, at least with Uncharted 4, they're veering into, like, maybe we can do some sort of fusion, but at least as of Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy, they're also hand-animated for the faces, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. But uh, it is it is strange that it wasn't on any of our top five. But like, I I'll be there day one. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I, I think that's just a testament to how good they are at storytelling. Where the the first Last of Us feels like such a complete and good story that it's yeah. like I don't know where I don't know how I just, I don't even know if I want to go back because I, don't it, know. It is, I love it the way that it is right now. But I'm sure when I do, I'm going to love it just yeah. as much. Mm-hmm. Sure. I really enjoy it. I don't know. That, that, that's sort of like where I come with it. Like, what if they made a, a sequel to? Well, they totally did that. Like the, the Harper Lee, didn't she make a sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird? Did she? Didn't she write one? I feel like I heard about that. At some I know point. there's a sequel to Little Women called Little Men. Really? That. Yeah. And then there's another one called Joe's Boys. Okay. <laughs> okay, that <laughs> really was bad. I went down a real Little Women rabbit hole, which is a weird phrase. Did you go see that movie? I did. That movie ruled. I want to see it. It is like I left that theater and I was like. That is too much life packed into two movies. Like, <laughs> that's, I, I cannot I'm handle it. That's like from that. the same director as Lady Bird, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Oh, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Anyways, that's Little Women, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm excited. Second Knots 2 is coming out this year, guys. Second Knots yep. 2. Yeah. Second Knots 2 is on my for a second third like. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see Microsoft pushing Second Knots 2 after they ditched publishing mm-hmm. on the first one. Now they come crawling back. They still have time to ditch it. <laughs> more exciting than that, we'll probably, hopefully, see some of the two-player productions, uh, Double Fine documentary stuff around Psychonauts yeah. 2. Very excited about that. Uh, other game we should mention that maybe people are screaming about is Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh, I think you're going that direction. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I'm excited for that. Uh, did they say 2020 for them? I, I think so. I'm pretty okay. sure. It's one of those games that started as DLC and became a huge game and, you know, looks like at least stylistically, a continuation of what they did in the first game. It's not some radical art departure, you know? So yeah. that helps it speed up development a little bit, I think. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, that's one of those games that's, like, I'm excited about, but it, it, that's also a tough game. So it is going to be, like, a, you know, roll up my sleeves and sit down and get ready to play the new Hollow Knight. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wanted to call and congratulate us all for not putting Halo Infinite on this list. <laughs> because I went through the thought process on that one. Yeah. I'm assuming it's eligible because it is 2020, yeah. right? They've said that. And I am excited for it. I'm anticipating it. But I really had to stop and say, like, what am I? what is that based on? Other than just, like, the few snippets that they've showed. We just don't know enough at this point. Okay. So I felt like out of all the other things, I know more about them. I have reasons why I can say, hey, this and this and this is why I'm anticipating this. This is just kind of, like, the vague promise that they may be going back to what made Halo great to begin with. Mm-hmm. For my, I debated putting it on the list, and it's primarily like, I'm excited to play a new Halo game on PC day one. 
Like that is my that, thing. that is that weird concrete thing oh, that I think is fun. So. Uh, Masquerade. Bloodlines to uh, Vampire oh, yeah. Masquerade Bloodlines. Oh, yeah, that's, right. I, that's the game that I've been like the, the original uh, was like you know JB re- obviously really likes it and I've been hearing like people like oh this is a really cool game but it's you know maybe classic like, yeah right, kind of yeah. hard to go back to so I mean, my my biggest hope for that game honestly is that I don't need to have played the first one to play mm-hmm. this one but if they if they're able to to deliver something on that level of like the, if it is as good as that one uh, I'd be very like I like the idea of what they're doing is like here's a vampire world that they kind of can't talk about you know them being vampires and um, a lot of the RPG joist mechanics that they have in that game do you sound really promising? Yeah. Do you think that game will have some runoff love because of the Outer Worlds? Because the two leads for the Outer Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, they were the two creators of Vampire of Bloodlines. So they're not, like, involved with the sequel, but do you think there's going to be some weird loophole thing, or is that too crazy uh, for think, most people? Yeah, I think, we're, like, that's, I think very few people will make that yeah. kind of – will have that, you know, familiarity. So. Sure, sure. Uh, that's cool. Let's see. I'm looking forward to Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is still just 2020, but then modeling the Earth is nutso and it being on console. Mm. I think it's going to be super cool. I saw that on the. I was going like through the Wikipedia list and yeah. I saw Flight Simulator. And I was like, oh, that's a handset. <laughs> I think that's, that's cool. going to be cool. No, man. That, that is that's a moment for home right yeah. there. <laughs> Age of Empires 4, they don't have a release date, but I, they're probably going to be pushing the console so much this year that Microsoft will probably save this for 2021, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm ready to be surprised. Ooblets. That is a game that Double Fine was publishing, but now under Microsoft's rule, they don't think they're publishing games anymore. But oh. it's going to be an Epic Games Store exclusive on PC. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, the game looks adorable. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, it seems like it has components of Pokemon, but then also Stardew Valley. It seems like it could be a little, a lovely indie game yeah. this year. Minecraft Dungeons, Minecraft Diablo. I think I'll have a great time with that when that releases, even though you can't build in it, which is odd. Avengers. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We're all in both we'll I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we cool. go. Yeah. Uh, moving out. Uh, it's another indie game where it's literally about moving and it's co-op and you're like That's calling couches with each other. Did they show um, it at Stadia? I don't know if they did. It's not exclusive to Stadia. If they did okay. show it there. If they can pull off the opening a door with your back, tech, yeah, I think it's going to be a. <laughs> Game of the year. It should be a VR game now that I think about yeah. it. I hope that's the second half of Half Life Alex is just moving out of 2017. Um, Piling up all the uh, furniture in the hallways yeah, so that Gordon right. can't yeah. get through them <laughs> later down the line. Splunky 2, he has mm. not confirmed it for 2020, but it was supposed to, I believe it was 2019 originally. Also, Derek, you, same creator, that UFO UFO. game. I was was just going to say, I I didn't think of that one, but yes, I have, I I emailed him like 10 times while I was a Game Informer, just like, you know, like every six months or whatever, being like, hey, we're really interested to check this out when it's ready, and he's always very nice and being, yep, I'll I'll tell you when it's ready. You got to leave me alone, dude. Uh, let's see. 12 minutes, which is like oh, a, yeah. that indie game where you're kind of mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to not die when, you know, the police have made your house. And you're there is like, uh, there's supposed to be like this ridiculous number of permutations that can happen, you know, and trying to figure out how to like, it, you know, properly solve that puzzle over the course of however many hours that game is. Yeah. It seems pretty interesting. Kind of in that same vein. I mean, different type of game, but that sort of indie sort of interesting mosaic, I think, mm-hmm. looks really cool, um, which is just this like sort of dark creepy city that everyone's obsessed with their phones. It, it, I'm, I'm not even sure what kind of game it is, but it looked, the art is so interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, another one that I didn't even realize had a name, but the Dark Pictures Little Hope. So oh, it's kind of the follow-up to Man of Medan. There was a teaser for that at the end of Man of Medan. Right. right. Yep, yep. And it seems like it's yeah. kind of like horror in the woods is the overall yeah. style for Little Hope, but that could be interesting. 
Um, let's see, Warcraft 3, the remaster, is coming out in January, which I would be more excited for, but I went back and played so much Warcraft 3 before I went on that cover story trip for Game Informer mm. that I feel like, ah, I just played through that campaign, played some multiplayer matches. Like, I'll mm. check this out for sure, but yeah. I'm not dying to play it again. Oh, uh, uh, later this month, Kentucky Rod Zero. That's Next right. Five. Yeah. yeah, the TV edition, uh, January yeah. 28th, that's coming out. I've remember, been hearing about that game for so long, yeah. I want to finally check it out. I mean, I remember doing a feature on them for Game Informer like, two, two or three years ago about, like, hey, now they're finally kind of, like... Closing in, and they're, hopefully this game will be out this year, and yeah. it is not out yeah. this year. <laughs> uh, but hearing about, like, you know, their kind of development history and how, like, they kind of for a while had, like, part-time jobs while they were making that game. And yes. that game's long road to, long road to, to release, I think, right. is interesting. So. Yeah. Do you guys think Skull and Bones will be coming out this year from Ubisoft? Are they going to be saving this for, like, their launch of the new gen game? Well, Seems like a good spot for it. I mean, when was the last time they showed it? 2018. It wasn't that long ago. I bet it was 2018. Yeah. But then they didn't show it 2019. Right. And I haven't said anything or shown any I bet trailers or anything. I bet this is going to be one of those weird zombie U-esque, like, gotta uh-huh. be at their launch Ubisoft mm-hmm. games. I hope so, but it, it also, like, I think the main thing that everyone said about that was, yeah, super cool, awesome, we're happy to have another pirate game, but you don't get off the ship, so what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, a, it's a weird, it's just like, ship fighting. Do you want them to get off the ship? I want to get off the ship. I want... I mean, it sucks, but I want Black Flag, another a non-Assassin's Creed pirate simulation game. Mm -hmm. They're so good at open-world stuff like that. Yeah. I I would like to see a non-Assassin's Creed version. That would be an overhaul, man. I don't know if that game would be a very big and expensive open. Yeah, I don't know if that game will come out this year, but I'm almost like positive that they're going to have like a 10, 20 minute demo at E3 this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sony's gone, right? Yeah. Still that time. There's the League offshoot games. Yeah. Like Ruin King, a League of Legends story from uh, Airship Syndicate. I'm yeah, really looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Like a turn-based RPG in the League universe, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not like a big League fan. Like, there's always, there's this like part in the back of my head that is always kind of disappointed to see that it's right and not Valve who's doing that because like, oh, like if they made a, a, a story-based game based on, like, Invoker or Ember Spirit, I'd be like, awesome, those are the Dota heroes that I care about. That's amazing. I can't believe Isn't they're it doing called that. the Warcraft 3 campaign? No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, like, the fact that they're doing it for League is, like, cool, but only as far as, like, I would love to see this applied to the other one. Yeah. Right, not this right. one. But, but it's Dude, super it's cool to see why. Like, yeah, I would love to see them actually, like, you know, however many years down the road and maybe, like, break out and make a new franchise because they have, like, so many... Re- like, the moment they have published, they try to say, hey, let's make a AAA game like these other guys, they're immediately, like, top of the field in a lot of cases because they'll have, they'll have, like, the immense amount of resources that someone like EA or Ubisoft have. It, you know? Yeah. Uh, other things, Rima 6 Quarantine, which is that co-op experience, three-player, I believe, that would mm-hmm. be interesting. Curious to see how much of the Siege community goes over to that one. Um, LEGO Star Wars 2020, or, sorry, just LEGO Star Wars releasing sometime mm-hmm. in 2020. They haven't set a release date. Maybe... With the release of Rise of Skywalker on DVD, do people still buy those? Uh, that seems like a good timing, but yeah. I'm excited for that. I, I like Lego games in general, and especially with them shaking it up so much with this one and kind of embracing more of an open format. I'm yeah. excited about uh, so two other quick ones: Ori, Will the Wisps. Yeah, yeah very excited for that. I'm actually between the like versus uh, Hollow Knight. I think I'm more excited for Ori just because that's more my speed. It's yeah. more closer to Rayman, and also um, Super Meat Boy Forever. Is one that I like. I, I really? want to play. Speaking of, it's weird. There's a certain uh, Duke Nukem Forever and Meat Boy oh. Forever also taking forever <laughs> yeah. to develop. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll, maybe we'll see that this year. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I played it at PAX one time. I mean, it's it's a it's a gosh, what is that genre? Uh, auto runner. Yeah. But like 
if, when it's done well, I like that genre a lot, and I liked what I played at Super Meat Boy forever. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you excited about the Pokemon DLC, Kyle? It announced last week. Yeah. I think it's uh, a really smart avenue for I, them. I would take that. I want that so much more than a third entry that you have to restart. Like, yeah. absolutely, I would take that over. And also, I, now the question is, does my, did I, my estimation of, like, uh, my prediction about Pokemon, that we wouldn't see a new Pokemon entry this year. Oh, right. Did that cause them to mm-hmm. kill well, Not, but does it count? Yeah. Did I, was I a successful prediction, or was it wrong? Because there is new content this year, but it's Basically not going to be... Basically, the equivalent of the, yeah. of the third game. But it's not going to be a third game, right? I said there wouldn't be, like, a third game. Right? Uh, well, yeah. we'll judge there's there's not a third game. game. Yeah. Yeah. We'll judge yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, uh, I know there's already some folks who are upset about Pokemon getting DLC and, like, feeling like it's I like it should have been there to begin with, but I I love it. Like yeah. I will, like I said, I will absolutely take this over Pokemon, whatever gun, gun you know. Yeah, like, and cause I, I don't because that's the thing is like playing Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon for review. It's like I gotta start over. Like I I've, I've been building this team. Let me right. just take. I want to see the new content, but I want to have the team that I've fallen in love with. You yeah. know. I saw Jeff. I'm, let that mic fall off the table again. Yeah. Um, no, I'm very excited about it. Good thing. Yeah, I think it's smart to do the split. DLC releases a little bit like uh, Breath of the Wild style. Um, also speaking of Breath of the Wild style, I like that both of the new areas in the DLC are both going to be like the wild area. So yeah. seeing Game Freak experiment more with open world design, maybe even some more narrative elements in those open worlds, like I think that's very it's interesting exciting. and clearly yeah. where they want to go in the future, which is very exciting overall. Yeah. The other thing was, I'm sure everyone's screaming about Elden Ring. Is that this year? They is haven't it? said. Yeah. This is the From Software, George R. R. Martin joint. Do you think it's coming this year? No. I don't think I believe so. it is. You? Really? I believe. I you think there'll be Sekiro DLC? No. Oh, they said think. there will be? I don't think they I don't, I don't think they said, no. Yeah. I know those guys are quick. You That's know? the thing. It's like yeah. they know how but to George train. George R. Martin is slow. So it's taking forever with those item descriptions. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be this year, but I also wouldn't. I'm not going to. My head's not going to explode if it's suddenly it's a you know November release. I'll be impressed for sure. I I'll be impressed if it ends up being an actual game. What are you talking really? about? It's announced. There's a pre-rendered from software knowing oh, how to crank out games. Well, if, if they make a pre-rendered announcement of something, then it always becomes... That, that felt, Give me five that examples like, where that hasn't happened. That felt just like such a, hey, we we need stuff for E3. Let's no. show this. See, I think that... You're loony. I will say, I think it's set a, like a tone and like, like here's some art about the world that we've created. Like we've, It's not an announcement of a partnership. It's an announcement of like... Here's what it's going to look like that we started, sure. but I mean, I also see what you're saying. And I think the Jordan Martin thing is in the backdrop, like he just is supplying some lore and stuff. I think the the bulk of the work here by a mile is from software, I and they're so. only known for cranking stuff out throughout their entire history. And that's great if it comes out. <laughs> you have to change it's not coming out. You're a lunatic. I'm insulted by this again. We, we always forget the ones that don't come out, and then we always say, oh, hey, remember that thing yeah, that name was a from software game? That didn't come out. Uh, Tenchu. That became right. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I tried to think that on it. <laughs> it's not like they announced the Tenchu. I won't say Veracine 2. To, to get behind Jeff <laughs> a little bit, like, that was, I mean, I think that they just kind of go off in their own direction. You know what I mean? Where, like, they're, like, they started making a Tenchu game, but then they're, like, you know, we, uh, we'll make it our own thing. You know, and I, they, they're, maybe something could happen here with this. Like, maybe Martin isn't going fast enough for them, so they make it their own thing and it becomes a different game. Dark Souls. They wouldn't need to. They'll just make Elden Ring, but Miyazaki can create the lore again. Like, But then they, but maybe it's called something different. Why call something different? 
why why did they call Sekiro Tenchu and Tenchu or why did they call Tenchu ended up becoming Sekiro and they could have just called it Tenchu and used the brand name that was already established and known. Right. But I think that's different because Elden Ring is just a new IP. So like if they lose Jorah Martin, they lose I guess them. that's a good no point. Deal, yeah, because right? it is it is brand new. So. Yeah. All right, you guys ready to move on? Please. <laughs> Hey, the only reason we're in this basement recording this podcast is because of the community and the support of the community on Patreon. Patreon.com slash next two ends. Uh, still new people finding us. I try and message. I, I know I don't get everybody, and I apologize. But people trickling in, I message them and say, like, how would you find us? So many people are still coming around like, oh, I've been meaning to support you guys for a while. Mm. Listen to you guys on the Game Informer show. Want to get around to it. Like, it's still – it. It melts my heart when people are mm-hmm. still like, oh, what's this? Mimax, I should actually support them. So check out the Patreon. See if any of those benefits are interesting to you. If you're a $5 supporter, you get to listen to this show one day early. You also get access to exclusive chats, commentaries, fun stuff like that. Um, and then also MinFax, which I guess we don't talk about too much. But if you want to go behind the scenes of MinMax, uh, that's like a weekly stream for $20 supporters. And then you can listen to it as an audio podcast. It's us really getting into the the nitty-gritty of how this whole thing works, what we have planned for the future and stuff like that. So please check that out if you're interested. Um, and look at this hero. Superhero Cinema Scoop from Riley Hill. Uh, Superhero Cinema Scoop is proud to sponsor MinMax. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a new YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the up-to-date news on your favorite superhero movies, shows, and video games. News from Marvel, DC, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Spawn, and many more are represented. Videos are uploaded at least once a week and can be enjoyed by the whole family. Just search for Superhero Cinema Scoop on YouTube and remember... That's cinema, spelled with an S. Thank you so much, Riley. Really appreciate the support. Yep. Uh, check out his YouTube channel this week. He gave himself the Hot Ones Challenge. Which, okay. <laughs> he's the ultimate hero <laughs> for just like, roll this camera, let's go for it. And yet, family friendly, does not swear in the video wow, as his tongue is falling apart. Does he have a, a video about Michael Keaton being in that Morbius trailer? And not yet. Not when I checked. why it's so confusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe so it's is, not confusing at all and I'm making it more confusing. No, it is the most confusing thing okay. in the world. It's very distressing. So it's the idea of like Sony Pictures and their Venom weird sub-Spider-Man universe where they technically own the rights. But in the latest Morbius trailer, it certainly seems like they're roping in Vulture from Homecoming yeah. into this Jared Leto Morbius mm. movie. So I've already... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChumbaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I had a tough time explaining, you know, to some people, like, why the X-Men aren't in the MCU. I guess now it's different, but yeah. back in the day. And now trying to explain, like... Well, no, so the Sony Spider-Man movies are part of the MCU, but MCU doesn't see it that way. It's just a one-way street. Like, it's just uh, such a mess. Anyways, I'm sure that Riley Hill over on Supergirl Cinema Scoop 
with S's, uh, we'll be covering all that stuff. And it, it sounds like the MinMax community really embraced that and, like, went and started watching yeah. his videos. Yeah, well, really he made, nice yeah, video, he made yeah. a video, like a thank you message and stuff, so it was very sweet. Which I like the Michael Keaton thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they're revolting yeah. against it. But revolting like a vulture. That's, like, super cool. I think that's yeah. the kind of sponsorships that we want, and it's cool that it's actually doing something for him yeah. and that the community is actually taking the time to check that out. Absolutely. So. Also, new people at the $100 tier have put pictures, like Jesse Vitelli over there. Adorable. Um, yeah, we have a new uh, best dog of mid-mags here with Jesse Vitelli putting his cute dog on that screen. If you're $100 supporter, you can choose <laughs> that image down back there. Brian. Yeah, beating down Brian. Get a cuter dog. He's going to send you a photo with, like, uh, the game he's from, I forget the name, but, like, and then that, and then also his dog. Plague Tale. Plague Tale. He's going to Photoshop his dog into a screenshot from Plague Tale. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he wants has to, to do it now. I, I think, think he wants to put his dog in the world of Plague Tale. Don't <laughs> tell him what he does and doesn't right. want to do. Kyle, it's fake. Oh, okay. Uh, so every week on the Patreon page, if you're a supporter at any tier, you can leave a question, comment, word of wisdom. We collect everybody's... Um, a lot of great stuff. Thank you to everybody that left a, a nice message or comment question. Uh, Christopher Reardon kicks things off here for the community feedback section. He says, hello. Hi. The best S game that doesn't begin with Super is Shadow of the Colossus. Mm. <laughs> or Star Ocean 2. No, it's Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> then also there were comments uh, of people saying, hey, uh, what about Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Star Wars National Republic? Yeah, yeah. Stalker? Street Fighter 2. I think it's pronounced S-T-A-L-K-E-R. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can anybody argue that Street Fighter 2 is the best S game? Yes, yeah, Shadow of the like Personally, I like Shadow of the Colossus more, but the irony is that like the best version of Street Fighter is Super Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, the impact of Street Fighter is absolutely undeniable. Currently. Also, uh, somebody wrote in uh, saying StarCraft. Uh, yeah. Very, yeah, well, we're oh, we get it. Very, very obvious. <laughs> Look, it's hard to think of things in the moment. I think you guys <laughs> yeah. are so smart. You don't have the internet. Like, when we go on Wikipedia, this and I'll tell them what's what. <laughs> and you can hear as I'm typing every time I'm frantically yeah. trying to look something up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that sounds smart. <laughs> Russell Christian says, "Hello, Ben, two ends, and fellow Minmaxers. With the recent delays by Square and Crystal Dynamics being announced, I was wondering what the hot take by everybody was at the, at the table." My opinion is no delay is bad if it makes the game better and prevents crunch, but April just became one of the busiest months this year. On the third, Resident Evil 3 remake releases a week later is Final Fantasy 7, um, and the new release date for that is April 10th, and then less than a week from that, Cyberpunk 2077 on the 16th. I'm prepared to mainline caffeine and not get a full <laughs> night's sleep until May. Woohoo! It's college finals all over again. But my gripes aside, what does the table think of the delays and the now very busy April we have? Mm. I think I think that's a good point about the sort of because like spreading out games is good. Delay like delaying games don't bother me at all, honestly. Yeah, I mean, maybe they did it one time, but now it's like it's whatever. I'll play it when it when it when it comes out and it's good. But it's not yeah. going away. It's know. not going away exactly. But like yeah, it's not an Elden Ring situation. Be gone. Wait. And uh, but squishing everything to April that. That's a little troubling, you know. Like I'm I, personally not I don't know the solution to that, but you know. yeah, I'm I'm happy to give it over as more time. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I'm looking forward to these games, but hey, take your time. And I think the crunch detail is very important here. Yes, yeah. Um, at the same time, I just don't believe Cyberpunk's coming out on April 16th. Yeah. I think it's absolutely going to get pushed. I don't know this, but it just feels like of all the games, especially with this, now that they know they have the competition, it's like, why not give themselves more time? Did Witcher 3 get delayed at all? Yes. Yeah, several okay. times. Yeah. yeah. 
And we talked about it before, but especially with like Microsoft and Sony probably hoping and begging and talking to CD Projekt Red, like, please make this a launch game on our next-gen systems. Like, come on. Come on, you guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm personally not worried about it just because, like, I'll play those games when they come out. It, it can be concerning from, like, if you want those developers to do well. But, like, that's a case where all three of the releases there, I'm not super concerned about them not selling because they're on that right. day. Like, Final Fantasy is going to sell. Cyberpunk is going to sell. You know, maybe one sells more than the other because mm-hmm. of that date. But, like, I think yeah. those games will all be... We're going to sell Avengers after playing it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the one thing I wanted to bring up. Like, the Final Fantasy seven delay, I totally understand totally behind it. Take, yeah. take those extra couple of months for polish. The Avengers, that's another warning sign of, like, uh, uh, what's going on with this thing. You think it's just kind of in scramble mode, like every game is, I'm sure? But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Do you think it'll still ship September, then? Do you think this is just them delaying the inevitable, which is an even longer delay? Yeah. I mean, I think they would... I don't know. It's it's just it's so weird. It's yeah. such a, and we should say it's such a question mark for us too in terms of what that game actually is. Like we haven't seen well, that much. Yeah. There, we've had the demo. We've heard some stuff about it. I think people have a lot of first impressions from those kind of things. But you can't judge a game based just on that. You like right. And it's it's just so weird to me still that they're going to release a living game. What they say is a living game to some extent at the very end of a console yeah. cycle. So it's like, I, I'm rooting for them to delay it further to be at the start of mm-hmm. next gen. That seems like it would make so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like, I think Stadia was charting that as one of their big games too, though. So under, mm. I'm sure all these delays, Stadia are like, <laughs> punching a hole through their head. Bill Harrison does it himself. <laughs> Jared Barzi says, greetings from Kansas City. Hello, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Two ends. With the recent news of Sony not being at E3, I wanted to see what the panel's thoughts were. Well, I think E3 has some issues and and companies are doing their things their way. I was a bit surprised Sony decided not to participate in this year since they're launching PlayStation 5. Another factor is Microsoft will be at E3, so from that standpoint, it just seems like a mistake to not participate. Is this reminding anyone of the Sony post-PS2 going into the PS3 where they're overly confident? Yeah, what do you guys think about the delay? We made, like, a news video kind of summarizing it, but... Yeah. I'm sorry, not delay, but uh, them saying they're not going to yeah. be at E3. I mean, it, it's a it's it's sad from a consumer point, but, like, as a group of people who have attended E3 multiple times, it is one of those things you walk around and you're like, is this necessary? Like, do you have to be here? Like, how totally important is And I think... Like, it, I don't yeah. think Sony loses anything by not being... Yeah, they can, they can have a thing, like, you know, the Thursday before all the pre-E3 stuff and I'm be sure as relevant to the conversation as... as yeah, been 100%. And I think there's definitely, you know, like, we made that news video and I was kind of bummed out walking through my feelings on that reveal um, just because you want the big head-to-head showdown. Yeah. But like we'll still fun. have it. We'll still have plenty of YouTube videos popping up about who won E3 and Sony stuff will be roped into that, their announcements around that time. Like, and I think there's also... Everybody talking about death of E3, death of E3, Sony not being there is such a disaster. Yes, E3 is dwindling, and this is a blow for sure. At the same time, you got to remember who's telling you that, and that is journalists who are attending E3 and walking around the show halls. Like, yeah. It always makes me laugh when so much of the conversation on E3 podcast is like, boy, the back half of Kentra Hall is looking pretty barren this year, and it's like, but people just want the reveals. And if there's headlines out there and the news is getting out there no matter what, that's the core. Like, we're too focused yeah. on 
our experience at the show floor versus, like, people on the Internet just want some game news. There's going to be game news there no matter what. Well, sure, but, like, then at that point you question, like, why not just have, like, E3 just become Video Games Week when everyone just has a series of video announcements and there is no show. Like, right. that's, can, that, that's, that's kind of the opposite yeah. end of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it does it does suck that E3 is kind of dissipating to all these different things. And it, and if it was Video Game Week, that would be great, but, yeah. it, but it is... It seems to be trending more towards, well, we're going to do our own thing in September, and we're going to do our own thing right. in April. And it's and you just you're transitioning to these focused, you know, one company telling you exactly what they're going to tell you, mm-hmm. and you're not getting journalists coming in to play these different games and you know giving their own experience. Like to offer up the context of like, well, you know, they they showed this, but when I played it, it was like this, mm-hmm. or like, hey, they played it, and it, like by the way, they also had a demo, like they've made it, they may have had a CGI trailer, but when right. you actually played it, like it, the experience is totally yeah. different. And, and I think there is value in having everyone under one roof. And kind of that distillation of like, well, these were the most important things, or this was the most fun thing that we played. You can't yeah. get that when everyone's spread out. It's also, um, it also like hurts the like the in between companies more. Like the mm-hmm. Sony not being there is, like, doesn't matter, but like something well, something like well, well, it doesn't like, matter for it doesn't matter to show. Sony, Sony, yeah, Sony yeah. is it not matter. like yeah. But, like, you know, Sega or, like, you know, like, Atlas or someone who has, like, maybe showing off smaller titles that you wouldn't travel, you know, if you're an international person. Like, you're not going to go to E3 just to see the latest, like, Atlas game. Well, unless it's, like, Persona or something. But, like, um, but if you can go see Nintendos and Sonys and Microsoft things and also see all this other stuff, yeah. then you're going to go, right, and see that stuff. So I think that's the stuff that ends up hurting is the people who can't afford to have, like, well, you know, we're going to have a conference, too. It's like no one's going to listen, right? Like, Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a wild time. I'm sure. Yeah, they'll do the state of play and the Death Stranding style announcement was like a week yeah. before. I mean, that stuff is super year. fun. Like, and, I, and it is fun to have it all compressed in one place. But like, is it a benefit for Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to have their announcements all during that week? Like, does it yeah. benefit them in any way other outside, or is it better for them to just have their own individual week or day mm-hmm. outside of that? You know, I don't know. But yeah. I, as a consumer, I like it. It's fun. Yeah. You know? and, and that's kind of the difference between, like, competition versus monopoly, where you can yeah. do all your own things, and it's just your message, and you have total control over it versus, I mean, I'm sure they may not see it as advantageous to them in any way, but for the consumers, it is. It is, yeah. yeah. Justin Sport says, hey, Ben and the TLCs, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Booty, head of Xbox Game Studios, recently said, as our content, quote, as our content comes out over the next year, two years, all of our games, sort of like PC, will play up and down that family of devices. We want to make sure that if someone invests in Xbox between now and when the Series X comes out, that they feel they've made a good investment and that we're not, and that we're committed to them with content. Essentially, he is saying that the Xbox games will be cross-gen for the first year or two. What's your take on this? Do you think Sony will go this route as well? It seems like a pro-consumer move. This is one of those, like, subtly wild things that they've kind of already revealed just with their strategy with Halo Infinite, I guess. They're like, oh, it'll release an Xbox One. It's all it's all the same now. Yeah. Everyone is just, like, so locked into next-gen that Microsoft's the only one saying, like, it doesn't really exist anymore, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... Because, like, that's something you're talking about, like, Avengers getting delayed and stuff like that. It's like, we got to hit that next gen. It's like, do we? I mean, it's, everything's going to be backwards compatible. It's not going to – I mean, what's the leap between Xbox, PS4 and 5? I think there's really still going to be a little bit of a stigma, even if it's backwards compatible, sure. for, like, oh, I want to play a next gen game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I do. You know, like, I will want to play the best version of those games, and the best version of those games are going to be on the next gen console. But I think it's just getting blurrier and blurrier. That line for sure. is dissipating more and more every generation. So. Yeah. I think it's a smart move. I think it's – fascinating it kind of 
boils into Microsoft's strategy and with releasing games on PC as well, where it's like, well, I don't think I want to buy the Series X then in any way, right? If I can just play this stuff yeah. on an Xbox One or on a PC that I can just further upgrade. But if they're just investing that much in software and they're planning on making all their money from software, then win-win for them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the PC approach. It's consoles adopting the PC approach of just yeah. like, well, you can you can play a game on your computer. Like, how well it's going to run, you know, is a question. But at least with consoles, they have like three SKUs versus mm-hmm. a billion. So presumably they'll be able to work with that. But yeah, I'm very curious how that's going to be worded, though. Like, even at the end of trailers for like Hellblade 2, if it'll say will not run on base Xbox you One. You have a cutoff at some point. To, yeah, so how they're going to message that, because that just seems like it's going to be really confusing for consumers when there is mm-hmm. a complete cutoff. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but do you think Sony will go that route as well? I don't think so. I think they're more into the locked thing. Yeah. Other than probably, I mean, it is I mean, backwards compatible. That's important to them, this yeah. generation, which is cool. But, it, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I see it as, like, a fun bonus to owning that console as yeah. opposed to, like, you know, blurring the line between generations like as much as Microsoft is. Right. Yeah, I mean, Matt Booty has said some crazy things like on the, um, when I interviewed him on the Game Informer Show podcast, that's where I asked him about, I believe, yeah, I asked him about like Double Fine after Psychonauts 2 and that's what he was saying like, he's like, oh yeah, we want them to keep releasing cross-platform games even after Psychonauts 2, even though they're a Microsoft developer. And it's like, what? Like, it's just why you guys are doing this. I mean, the money has always been in software, right? I mean, always. Yeah. You sell the console at a loss, and you make it back by selling software. That's right? what they say. Uh, oh, Kieran Robinson says, which of the next-gen consoles will you personally buy, and for what reason? I'm really looking forward to the Series X. I think I'm going to get it. Day <laughs> <and day. laughs> uh, I like all I... those ports on the back, man. <laughs> I'm super into it. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm for sure going to get a PlayStation 5. I can't imagine I would buy a Series X. I have a PC. I don't know why I would want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, mean, I, point. I mean, I'll probably still get a Series X because I'm a sucker. You're going to get both? Probably. Well, eventually, yeah. What are you buying first, though? Uh, presented in front of me, probably PS5, Five. just for the exclusives, yeah. Jeff yeah. Will. You have to say Series X. Just to I'm sorry, balance. but that's, you know, that's how exclusives work, and that's why Sony still makes them. Yeah. It's because it... And especially, it's especially important in the launch time when you have two consoles like that. It's like, well, which one am I going to buy? Of course, we're all going to say the one that has the exclusive games that you can't play yeah. anywhere else. The one that plays Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. It might be, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, Carl, but it seems like we might need to get them for, like, freelance stuff of, like, well, yeah, you know, that's all. just to be thorough, have yeah. an act to review this game on. If, if they send us a Xbox copy, then... To some degree, yeah. Might I mean, want to have that's it. a whole like write-off on your taxes. Yeah, but like, if I were not in, that, in, in this industry, I would. I'm fine with my PC and PS5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Marriott players says, "Hey, all, what's your fondest console launch memory? Mm. Going back into the annals of time itself. That's what is pronounced. That's how you pronounce that. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's probably the Wii. Wow, oh, that was yeah. that was like the first one where I like." It was an event for me and my friends, right? Like, it because like the Xbox one we missed out on launch actually because like we had a very frustrating night where it's like, well, my parents aren't home, I, neither of us can drive, like we don't have a car, so it's like we went, we called a Walmart and they don't have it anymore, and so like we were trying to figure out like, and, and it just ended up not working out, so we didn't get one until like the following March. But like for the Wii, it was like we we pre, we were there like 7 a.m. to pre-order it, and so then we went and we were like first in line to get it, and oh, we wow. like. We got it, and like it was like me and my two of my friends, and we like we we drove out of the GameStop parking lot, and one of us rolled 
on them in Australia and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> first week. So and then we drove and played Twilight Princess for however many hours. Is that right? Yeah. Again, yeah. you could have played GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, well, no, but it wasn't out on GameCube. Yeah, it wasn't on GameCube yet. Oh, really? It was like, like staggered? Yeah. Never staggered. Oh, yeah. interesting. Diabolical. Yeah. I mean, but the Wii was super exciting because it was different. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I was working at GameStop at the time and I remember being so excited when the Nintendo rep brought in the Wii, like, standy for people to try out. Because that was the first time I got to play mm-hmm. the Wii. And I was just losing my mind. I was so excited <laughs> while they were setting it up because I was like, I get to try this thing with these emotion controls. It's going to be something completely new. And yeah. it, was, it was, you know, ultimately kind of underwhelming. Yeah. But, like, at the time, I was like, I was there wasn't anything I was more excited about. A brand new Zelda with a console that was unlike anything yeah. else, for sure. I thought my first reaction to get, holding a Wii remote was like, it's smaller than I thought it'd yeah. be. Like, yeah. for whatever reason, all the advertising made it seem like a lot bigger than it was than it actually was. I don't know why. Like, the scale of the console was just kind of off for me. And I, when right. I held one, I was like, this is smaller than I was expecting. It. And then they put the big chunky condom on there, <laughs> and then you're like, now it's got yeah. the girth I crave. That's right. <laughs> Uh, for me, I guess it would be PlayStation 2. Oh, okay. That was so incredibly exciting because my mom was very sweet, and she actually waited in line to get that for me. Um, and so I remember, like, she was picking me up because the bus would drop me off on this country road. It's a long story. I lived in the boondocks and stuff. And I got off the bus, got into my mom's car on the day of the launch, and she hadn't communicated to me all day, obviously, like, what had happened. So I got in the car. Like, just wide-eyed, like, did you get it to PlayStation 2? Did you get the PlayStation 2 on lunch day? And she was just, like, talking about the weather and, like, how was my day. And I was like, just tell me. She's like, yeah, sitting at home. And I was so excited. And I went home, and it was Tech and Tag Tournament and SSX. And the sad thing was that she got the console, but they were sold out of memory cards on launch oh, day. Mm, so yep. for the first, like, week or week and a half, I just played the hell out of those two games, but then was not able to save. Yeah. So, like, I knew those opening tracks to SSX so much. I, I had a similar start with memory cards, but it, ours went a little differently because, like, we, we had the – it was Gundam Journey to Jabro, which is, like, the early PS2 Gundam game. And so we played it, and then wow. we realized it was, like, the first time it was like, oh, you have to save to a memory – what? Because, like, we had a PS1, but we never, like, we didn't use it that much, and it already what? had the memory card, so it's like we didn't oh, really worry about it, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we never swapped out memory cards or anything, and then we realized, oh – Okay, well, it's like 11 p.m. We can't do anything about it. So we just left it on overnight oh, yeah. and hoping it didn't, like, you know, because our PS1 basically eventually basically blew up. And so like, we had to figure <laughs> out a way, like, okay, we're going we're gonna to just keep playing it, and but don't turn off this PS2 because we've beaten this game <laughs> at this point. And we've unlocked, you know, a bunch of other Gundams. But if I swear to God, we need to go, like, early morning and get a memory card so we can actually save this game. So it was like yeah. us playing a ton of that game, which is, is not a good game. But, like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was having to worry about, like, God, if something happens to this PS2. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I played the beginning of Onimusha over and over and over without a memory card. It's weird that, like, that happened in that generation. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and Freeze, like, the Magnavox or whatever the hell. <laughs> no, uh, well, I told my N64 story oh, last yeah, time yeah, yeah. of we actually, I talked my mom into taking me out during, like, the launch window and, like, actually finding one and then her telling me, no, we can't actually, I'm not actually letting you get it. I just uh-huh. didn't think we'd find it. And so <laughs> I think, I, hate her I think it was probably, <laughs> the Xbox was probably the first one where I was old enough to just buy it myself. But yeah. I don't have any, like, I think I just brought it home and played Halo or Dead or Alive 3. 
which was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. You have to worry about memory card. That's right. There yeah. you go. I yeah. have a weird history of like getting a game before I have the console. Yeah. Like, I bought Banjo. Yeah. Like I won a copy of Banjo Kazooie for like a Toonami sweepstakes. What? Whoa, 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 it. whoa! Like a TV yeah. sweepstakes. Yeah, oh. you wrote into Tom himself. That's right, and he gave well because the grand prize was actually winning a console, but I only got a copy of the game, and so it was mailed to me. But I didn't have an N64, so I was kind of banking on that sweepstakes. And then I had a copy of Melee. I was I, banking on that sweepstakes. <laughs> well, because like, hey, well, like I was a kid, like what what better oh, way to save money and not have to you know work for weeks for, uh, on an allowance? And then I had a copy of Melee before I ever had a GameCube. So oh, wow. like for like maybe. Four months or something. I had a like. I can't wait to play Super Smash Brothers when I yeah, get the yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mine was Mega Man X Four that yeah. I had before I had the PlayStation. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Captain Stubbs One says I just did my PlayStation year in review and is two thousand five hundred seventy six hours in a year too much gaming? Do I have a problem? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Serial's got some numbers to throw up there, man. Like yeah. I was blown away by you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like. Three, I have 300. It, well, it's funny because, like, a lot of my Mortal Kombat 11 time was, like, just setting AI to farm, like, towers and stuff because you can just have them go run through that. Yeah. Again. So, I have, like, 320 hours in that. And wow. Then, but, like, the most surprising thing is that, like, that is a game that I just basically left on idle for a, for a while. But then, like, right below it is, like, Destiny 2 with, like, five fewer hours, <laughs> which is, like, that that is that was, That's like, the most depressing you. part of, like, ah. Huh. Like, this game that I just left on, I played Destiny 2 for basically about that much without <laughs> doing that. What was your uh, And then I also total? played hours of, of uh, Destiny on PC. So, like, oh my God. I played a ton of Destiny. Wow. Uh, so, who is it? This was uh, Captain Stubbs. Yeah, so you're fine, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I was only at 291. I, I played a lot of Xbox. I don't remember my, like, actual hour count. I, I can maybe look it up. Mm-hmm. I was really bummed out when I saw mine, because I think I've just been playing so many more games on PC, on PC recently. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. so, like, so, oh, it turns out I barely played my PS4 in 2019. It was wild. It was like, uh, Black Ops 4 was my number one. Oh, really? And I was like, wow. Oh, that's I just insane. I I love those stats. Like I got to see how many hours I played Death Stranding, which was funny. Yeah. And it's like I I just want that all the time. Like I have a theme, Kyle, when yeah. you play PC games. <laughs> yeah, but then I just walk away. I, oh. I have it's funny. I, it's funny. Uh, this is my own fault, but my Shadows of the Empire on good old games. My I just when I was streaming it, I would just leave it on because I don't I would don't really I use my MacBook to do work and stuff, and then I just left the PC. So I was I played Shadows of the Empire 100 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's good. my I. I don't think I even got that email. I don't know where you guys are getting. Oh, there's a link that you go yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, but regardless, my numbers live. My numbers Ooh. would all be tainted because I fall asleep during games all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna do this live for you, Jeff. I've got I've got 12.96 hours total, but that's only on PS4. Because I play a lot. Does it tell you how many hours you've been on Netflix? No, you know. No, oh, that would be helpful. Top game with Netflix. You can't stop. Zero uh-huh. hours in PSVR. Do you need the URL? Or you got it. I think I got the URL. So you, he does have to log in. So you might, if you want to, like, how many platinums did you guys earn with your bank account? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's kind of like a weird system. And Social Security yeah. number. Yeah. So just and get rid of my fears. But I do, yeah, like the 3D, I, yeah, Steam has it, which is awesome. I love that, just tracking your stats. And I loved the 3DS. Just had the list of your most played games with the hours next to it. I just want that on... I don't know why Switch doesn't do that. Why, why are they being coy about it? I like, don't know. You played for 20 hours or more. You could have played this for any amount of time, but it's made at least 20 hours. And then the other thing yeah. is, Xbox does it sometimes. You assume that I'm going to remember my... 
Let me. I may be. He's I may have like the password dude. saved on my. Just browser. look up on your phone. Yeah. I don't have. Oh, yeah. Okay. But uh, Xbox certain games it will tell you to our account. Like it just. It's just why, arbitrary. Why hide that? Like the Epic Store didn't do it for a while. Here, I mean, why hide that like, information? Flash played. Like, Here we go, Sergio. This one's for you while well, Jeff and figure that out. Fred DeNovo says, Recently, Nintendo and Sony sent out everyone's 2019 most played games on their respective systems. As we are in the prediction season, what would you all predict are your top three most played games across any systems for 2020? Well, Destiny. Uh, is that true? Probably. I've, I've already put a bunch of hours into it. Like this year. It's probably my most played game of 2020 so far. <laughs> Do you really think, though? I Number think so. one? They're going to they're put out another expansion patch, and like that's when getting in. On they the haven't announced it, have they? Pro- I mean, they're probably. They're probably there will be some. Like big Destiny thing, okay. Whether it's Destiny three or like another expansion pack, or the, like they just keep the season stuff going. Yeah. There will be new Destiny content. I could see Animal Crossing being pretty high up there this year for me on Switch. Yeah. I think obviously if I was a seven remake, but I mean I don't know if I'll play that twice. So how big could that number be? I expect like maybe twenty thirty hours something like that. What are, what are the big Switch games this year? Like Animal Crossing is the big one, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. no more Heroes, maybe Bayonetta, Pokemon yeah. DLC. Yeah. Which I don't, I, I can't imagine those would be too huge. But maybe, maybe on Switch, if if it's good, maybe yeah. gods and monsters. You know? Oh, interesting. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if it's the developers of Odyssey, they know how to sink some hours. I, I would also like to announce that I'm just going to retire as soon as Guilty Gear comes out. I'm going to put a billion hours into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my prediction for 2020. So, uh, Jeff, I'm I clocked 1,289 hours of gameplay. Damn. Okay. Or sleeping. Or sleeping. Yes. Uh, it says I played Solid 14 thing. games. Okay. Okay. Oh. Hey, that's fine. Dreams was 116 hours. Oh, wow. And I don't recall falling asleep too much during that one. Well, Dragon Quest Builders 2 was 49 hours, and then Far Cry New Dawn was 38 hours. Those oh, were wow. Top right. three, apparently, which those numbers don't add up. Why? If my top game was 116 hours, yeah, and then 49 hours plus 38 hours, I've only played... 13 games. games, and it somehow adds up to 1,289? Oh, come on, what are you, some sort of brainiac? Cool with the math. These numbers don't make any sense. <laughs> but there you go. All right. Longest streak was 15 hours I played a game during. What or it was left. You <laughs> sleeping. It's all sleeping. <laughs> Longest streak of sleeping. Is your TV curl? I fall asleep. <laughs> My on your couch? Yeah, do you my game on your on your bed is that what you yeah, do? Pretty much, <laughs> it's become my bed. My top <laughs> game online was The Division Two with eleven hours. That's why Days Gone is on on your most played list. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how those numbers add up. That's confusing. I love seeing those stats though, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Mark Cruz says, "Do you have gaming guilt?" I will explain. I love Pokemon and Monster Hunter, and those games are built essentially to never end. So most days I spend my time playing one or two of them after work. But I often think I really should be, I should really beat Outer Worlds or Devil May Cry 5. Then I just end up playing more Pokemon Sword Shiny Hunting. Do you guys have that? A lot of gaming guilt in your life about, oh, I should be playing this. Why am I still playing this? I have, I think the, my hierarchy of gaming needs is like, anytime I'm playing Destiny, I was like, man, I should be playing something else. And anytime I'm playing something else, I'm like, man, I should be playing Dota. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have more fun playing Dota if I were happy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the struggle that we all deal with, of mm-hmm. that what I should be playing versus what I want to be playing. Right. And I try very hard to just 
go with what I want to be playing. You like, let it all should, go. We should be, you should just be having fun. That's the whole effing point of this hobby. Right. Just play the games that make you happy. And there's that thing, too, yeah, of like, oh, I need to go back and finish Astral Chain. It's like, you know what? If I really wanted to do that, if I was having that much fun with Astral Chain and not just curious about what the second half of that game is like, I would have done it by now. I've got to let it go. I'm on file nine of that game, and I'm, I'm at the point where it's like, I had a weird arc, arc with that game of, like, kind of struggling with it first, and now I think it's too easy. But, like, at this point, I'm just like, I'm, I feel like I'm just finishing it to finishing it. Like, right. I, I'm not, like, in a position where it's like, oh, I, can't wait, I can't wait to see what they'll throw at me but next. But, agree, it's a good game. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's good, but it's like, I'm not, like... I'm not in a position where it's like, I, I feel like I've gotten out of this game what I'm going to get. Like, yes. putting however many more hours to finish it is not really going to, like, affect my enjoyment of this game one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure. Maybe there's some crazy thing at the end of the game that, you know, changes. Final but that, but that is always the thing, right? Like, but, you know, how often does that actually happen? Where, sure. yeah. yeah. Muffin Crumbs is speaking my language, saying, hey, Ben, I heard you say you're a big fan of Survivor. How excited are you for the all-winter season coming up? Uh, War of the Winners is this season, and it's the 40th season of Survivor because they do two a year, so the mm. math gets a little bit confusing. But they're bringing back champions from across all the eras, and it's super exciting because it's like back in high school then. Yeah, like early high school, the first season I watched was season two, and then season three, the winner there was Ethan, who's awesome, as I remember him from early high school, and now he's coming back and playing this new season. Like, I just love it that's drawing all these old-timers in and just realizing, like, oh, Ethan's still a player? Like, I, it feels like in Pokemon, remember where they said that, like, Ash, like, let go of his Charizard in a recent season or something? It was like, wait, it's still the same storyline that I watched <laughs> back in the day? That's how this feels with War of the Winners. It's like, it's still going on? You can still pull from Ethan, for Christ's sake? So that's your huffing for a muffin? That's my huffing for a muffin. That's right. Is it? Well, I'm very excited. Don't. Okay, I'm not a Survivor viewer, but like, hey, don't the more recent. You should be this season. Uh, well, okay. Don't the more recent hey. champions have an advantage? Because <laughs> they're younger and more fit? Like, it, how much of yeah. Survivor is like. Oh, a, but it's basically... cerebral, too. It is. It's social politics, the game. So you can win a number of different ways. Okay. And like, typically, the younger, more cultural players victory. early on, it's like, oh, they're a threat when it comes to the challenges, so we need to vote them out, right? Mm. So it's a lot of trying to balance about, like, I want to be a threat, but not too much of a threat, and be pushy, but not too pushy, you know, so. What if the twist this year was that when people are eliminated, they actually die? Oh, that sounds great. Would you still watch it? <laughs> Would I, and it was like a brutal, grisly death on screen? Yes. It'd be more comfortable than what happened last season, Kyle. I yeah, I, he did. He okay. pulled us aside and spoiled it for us. I remember. Did it really? Yeah. Okay. I do remember that. It was but unbearable. No, but honestly, if if people were actually dying no, as part of it. No, I wouldn't watch it. Okay. What if That's is? all I want to know because I'm, I'm guessing it would be a hit either way. <laughs> <laughs> what if yeah. after In they 2020, died? that would be the number one TV show. <laughs> what if yeah. after they died, they showed you the new Final Fantasy trailer? Then yes. Yeah. Zion Gonzalez says, will you guys do a best of this generation prior to next gen? Maybe like best 15 console games of this generation and best 10 Switch games. I'd love to do something about recapping generation. I don't know what it would be. I thought we 
the, the decade, which spans two generations. Oh, generations. Yeah, generations. Oh, like a eulogy for the Xbox One. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, I love it. We did the Xbox for... Live. It's, it's just going to be a series that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, did, uh, they're going to get back the Ethan Xbox to, mm-hmm. for the new season. I, yeah, I love it because we did 3DS at one point, right? Which yeah. Which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be totally up for yep. doing that for a PS4. Or yes, we would like to do that. Mm-hmm. Trevor Corbin says, when I was younger, I mostly played online games with a few single-player games sprinkled in. As I've gotten older, I find myself becoming bored and unsatisfied with online games very quickly and pretty much exclusively playing single-player games. How have your guys' tastes in games changed over the years? I'm definitely on board with, with that. Was it Trevor? Or yeah. That? Yeah, that's, I, I don't get a lot out of playing multiplayer games generally anymore, so I play mostly single-player anymore. Games. Yeah, I would, Did I would, you ever get into online stuff? Halo 2 was Halo huge. 2. Um, and uh, after that, it, it all it just I, I I go through the same set of emotions with all multiplayer games of like, and it just doesn't feel it rarely feels like novel or exciting to me to play. Even like something like Overwatch with all these like new mechanics and th- things like that. It's like, well, this this still kind of feels like like the my favorite matches from Halo Two. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've had this experience before, and it, where single player games to me generally feel more novel and interesting and, and new to me. So huh. yeah, I think. Even though I still like JRPGs and they're still in my heart of hearts, like that was my main thing back in the day, right? Like early deep dive into gaming, and now it's like, yeah, there's a lot of JRPGs I don't get to. Or I'll start plenty of them and be like, oh, that's nice, but yeah, not for me anymore. It's it's wild how much. I think the genre has left me. I haven't left the genre. I actually feel like I've gotten more into multiplayer games. Like, I wasn't, like, a big multiplayer guy before even Dota. Like, I even, like, fighting and stuff, I would play, like, the arcade modes and, like, oh, I beat it with every character and, mm. and, like, play with my friends occasionally. But it wasn't, like, a thing where it's, like, oh, I'm going to go out and find people to fight against in my local arcade. But it was, like, like Dota was, like, the first time I was, like, oh, I guess I'll try it. It's from Valve, you know, like, they have a pretty good track record. And, like, that that was a game that kind of, like, oh, like, the way human think, human opponents think is, like, so wildly better than, like, any CPU. So it's, like, just the idea of playing against that and trying to, like, beat other people at a game was, like, Dota unlocked that in my brain for me. Mm-hmm. So I've been more into multiplayer games since Dota, basically. Hmm. Uh, David Gilman, hello. Do you guys have any rules you try to stick to when playing open-world games like Witcher 3 or Assassin's Creed Odyssey that have every icon under the sun when you open up the map to avoid feeling overwhelmed? For instance, I only do stuff that I would logically run into while moving from plot point to plot point. It's an interesting strategy. Yeah. You got any hot tips? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the main tip of just abandon your compulsion towards completionism and just really focus on the main story. Like, yeah. You're probably going to get more out of that. The, I guess, like, mix, try each type of side quest, act, side activity, you know, and if you really like, like, do the ones that you really like, ignore the ones that you don't, but I think a lot of the time you can just stick to, when you stick to a main campaign, like, you're still going to get a 20 or 30 hour experience most of the time, and that's going to be enough for you, you know? Yeah. Like, I, that's something I personally try to do with more games, especially since most of the games I play are open world, and, uh, like, I don't I don't feel like I'm missing out when I when I actually do get myself to do that. Yeah. So I still have that, that compulsion to do everything on the map, but, like, 
the certain games are better about it. Like, I know The Witcher 3 had a really good system where it would categorize the side quests by, like, here's a, a main, like, a main quest, side quest, and, like, a treasure hunt. And then at some point, I just abandoned, abandoned the treasure hunt since they weren't really doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, all the, the the side quests in that game are, are good enough that I was, that I had fun doing them. But it's, like, finding, finding, like, okay, what what is my cutoff here? Finding appropriate cutoffs and not compulsively doing everything is something that mm-hmm. I tried to get better at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stud Muffin, great question, Stud Muffin, saying, how do you decide what to wear? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social theme slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Mm. How do you decide what to wear? I really am tickled by this question. What's still clean? What's still clean? But do do we all have clothes that technically we could wear, but you just, I'll never... Yeah, I, that's not even on the table. No, I I told you that that you was my get a load of this. That's, that's right, a couple, right. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, mm. I packed all that stuff away, and now it's just shirts that I actually yeah that spark that you know yeah. whatever I, Marie Kondo says. I that's right. I think a lot about what Joy. day it is. Joy. I think like starting to do the video version of podcasting has changed it a little bit. Where it's like, well. I guess I should wear a nicer-ish shirt if I'm going to be on video that day. And then also with the MinMax Studio, I think, well, I certainly need a long sleeve shirt. Otherwise, I'll freeze Please to it. death in this hellscape unless we hit our 15-gig goal and get a studio. Uh, and so that's a factor, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been wearing this hoodie for like six months now because you said don't wear black down here because we would blend in with the background and what apparently yeah i'm yeah. the only one who still follows that this was the only this is great this is light gray I mean, yeah you're doing okay yeah, yeah we're all doing fine um but yeah i think there's a certain formula of you want to shake things up but then still maintain upper third favorite clothes yeah, I think like I'm going shirts for certain days. Like, oh, I'm going right. to be going and doing a bunch of stuff that day. I'll wear the shirt that day. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a question. I think I'm a clean guy. Kyle, you can smell me. Very clean overall. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but do we all this thing where sometimes you go to some clothes that have been sitting there for a while, not worn, and they smell weird? Like in your drawers and stuff? That's right. Do your drawers smell weird? I think no. that's probably a do- drawer problem more yeah. than anything. I, well, I don't have drawers. It's on a shelf in my room. You have shelf problems. Your guys don't close your clothes on sink if you. Not until I wear them. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, if I, they're like in a closet or something, then they can kind of start no closet. To smell. No closet. Then maybe does your room just smell? No. Do you have it's a rooms? Do you have maybe get some kind of like. Uh, one of those things that, like, will help absorb moisture and closets and shelves and stuff like that. Maybe get some of those. And you put them in my room? You put them in your closet. Like they're, I they're would wake up like a prune. 
Yeah, probably not. We don't know what's going on with you, Hanson. Get some drawers. Please write in. Do your clothes smell if you haven't worn them? Go to Ikea, get some drawers. Okay. Dyster is getting us back on track by saying the best S game that doesn't begin with Super is SimCity, you idiots. He's probably right. Uh, Adam Walker has a little testimonial here, which is interesting. Uh, Last Friday night, 15 to 20 MinMax friends from the Discord successfully had our first official Halo community night. That's right. It was roughly three hours of laughter and utter joy. Several of the participants, myself included, later stated it was some of the most fun they've had playing multiplayer video games in years. Uh, So thanks for helping us bring help bring us together. The Discord channel has now been rebranded to Community Game Nights uh, for, like, one of the channels within the MinMax Discord. And we're working on building lists and polls for upcoming sessions to include more platforms than just Xbox. I know I'm not a, quote, to-the-top level supporter. (laughs) To the top! But I was hoping you could give a shout-out to the channel on the Discord and as well a shout-out to the MinMax Xbox Club and the MinMax PS4 group. I'd love to see what kinds of things the MinMax community would create and play together. Thanks for the great content. P.S. Shout out to Grizzle Gaming for being the only player Friday night to manage to finish a match with a negative score. <laughs> they, nice. shared, they shared this video that I'd never seen before, but I guess it's like a thing where it was like one player in the middle and then like eight other players circling around them, like pretty close, right? Okay. And then the player in the middle would just spin around with a shotgun and then what? fire it off. And then, like, yeah, and that was like the, you know, that was the game to see, like, who it was like roulette, that's basically. So fun! Like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so that's smart. Good. That sounds so fun. Thank you so much, Ed Walker, and thank you for yeah, uh, creating Discord channel yeah. and stuff like that. So that's super fun. And again, if you support uh, Midnight at any level, uh, you get access to uh, to the Discord. And that sounds like the perfect way to do online gaming at this oh, point, yeah. because we we live in such like a walled little garden, of, like a utopia of online people who are actually cool and nice to each other mm-hmm. that yeah like if you if you need people to play with that's where to find them there it is nick l says a little twist on the desert island question mm. uh no topical for the <laughs> release what is your hyperbolic time chamber video game jeff let me know what this means you will soon oh, hyperbolic time chamber <laughs> hyperbaric uh, nope no no, no. I don't know you why idiot. you'd possibly be confused with that. It's not a hyperbaric chamber. It's a hyperbolic When were you idiots talking about this? Uh, it's a Dragon Ball thing. Oh, uh, so, uh, so perfect. As, as a reminder, a day uh, outside equals a year inside mm, the hyperbolic okay, time chamber. Okay. So not something you want to play forever, just something you want more time with. What game, Jeff, would you bring into your hyperbolic time chamber? So for, I want to play it for 100 years, well, but it will only cost me a day. Yeah. You can, uh, no, a day is a year. I mean, you can go in there for a few minutes. Oh, so yeah. one year is a day. Yeah. Yeah. So you okay. can one like, year in the chamber is a day in the in the real it's world. It's basically right? a way of pausing life. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's very fun in Dragon Ball because it's like we're not strong enough. I know. Let's go in the very obvious training thing that's the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, that's you can only thing. go in there twice. Just, 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 <laughs> yeah. Kind of, and then you have to punch your son once when you're in there. It's very <laughs> yeah. Uh, Red Dead. Uh, I gotta, um, I gotta fucking finish Red Dead. You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, genuinely think one. about that every other day, and I get angry. Yeah, well, so do I, Hanson. <laughs> if only there was someone. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I'm know? playing what I, I, what I want to in the moment. Do you want to come over here and stream it? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. It, it'll never end. Okay. It'll never end. All right. That's fine. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, for me, it's Witcher 3, I think. It's, I'd like to play it, but for me, it's, too. It's I've tried to start multiple times, and uh, I recently picked up the Switch version. Mm-hmm. So maybe this time I will finally make some headway on that game. The, the furthest you I've gotten is about, like, six hours in on Xbox okay. One, I think. So. Did you get out of White Orchard? Uh, the first area? I'm not sure. I think so. I thought some, like, mermen the first time I played it. There was a, there was an angry fetus that I had to bury. Related okay, to that's, yeah, that's after that. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't get to the angry fetus. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I didn't mine, get to Isaac or whatever. <laughs> mine might either be, like, at this point, either Street Fighter 3 or, like, maybe Mortal Kombat. Just figure out how to get better at that. Oh, game. sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but then I have to bring someone in with me. But no. That's right. Yeah. Bring your son. I got somebody in mind. You can get your son from the future to come join you. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. You want friends? Have kids. <laughs> uh, Brian Brown writes in and says, Hey, Min Max crew, last week you all had a discussion of games that start with F. <laughs> I've, what? Here's the, the list. Of, this is the talking point. Okay. Here's a list of games that you idiots forgot. Oh, perfect. Uh, first of all, all Street Fighter games. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, we except for Super. Okay, yeah. the best one, the best Street Fighter team. Space game. Invaders, okay. Sonic the Hedgehog, Silent Hill, Spyro. <laughs> okay, so far, I don't. Streets <laughs> of Rage, Samurai Showdown, Sly Cooper, Soul Calibur. Sorry, Soul oh, Calibur. Shut up. Star Fox, South Park games, Shenmue, and Stardew Valley. I don't know that you said. I feel like, with the exception of Super Fight, I don't know that any of those top Shadow of the Colossus, personally. No. But yeah, but we didn't come up with Shadow of the Colossus. You're giving us a gimme. I, I can't even remember what we said. We probably said, like, Spider-Man. Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to come up with any of the things that okay. came out that year. Yeah, yeah. I still, also, I, I don't know why I'm so mad about this. I wasn't even there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think, But it, I think we still nailed the right answer, though, because the question was, like, what is the game, what is the letter that has the best games? And we it's it's probably said as quickly, yeah, yeah. you know. Second best, though? T. Q. For the? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends <laughs> on what category it is. The Street Fighter, the Battle of the Colossus, the Ico. I can't wait for the Street Fighter. The Great <laughs> Reboot. Uh, Rich Lynch says, hey, Ben in the CLCs. Hello. Hi. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've struggled with how mean everyone has been about Rise of the Skywalker and seemingly Star Wars in general. Mm. I've always loved the series, even at its lowest point. It seems this thing that used to be such a source of joy be trashed by the same people who spent years defending the prequels is sort of weirdly painful. So in the spirit of getting better, do you guys have any advice for dealing with jerks on the Internet? When it comes to stuff you love, more impor- more importantly, what can we all do to avoid becoming one of those jerks? Just avoid it. Yeah. Just don't. That's right. Avoid right out. water. <laughs> I mean, ignoring it. But also there's one, and maybe this is, like, rude, but, like, for me, like, I find a lot of solace in just, and maybe this isn't the best example because it's, like, criticism is all based on your own personal opinions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But a lot of things, it's just, like, as long as I'm just, like, this person is wrong. And it's, like, they can yeah. just be wrong, and they can die wrong, and that's fine. And, <laughs> they can you know, die. Like, I'll let you die wrong. I don't wrong. want them to die, uh-huh. but, like, I just, like, they're wrong, and it's like yeah. I can argue with them online, but like I, I don't want to. Like, don't engage, ignore, and just know that they are incorrect, right? About the thing that they're incorrect. And, about. and strangely enough, it does feel like a very Star Wars move, right? Of like wanting to be tempted by the dark side, <laughs> wanting to have that yeah. moment of no, and then just beating the hell out of something with your lights there. By the end, it's like you don't got to do it. Yeah. That's an option. You know how you keep yeah. a healthier, cleaner life. Just don't. Dip a toe into those waters. Don't. Yep. It's, don't. It's, it's you'll your always own regret fault it. for doing that. Yes. yes. Just stay away from it. Just stay away. Go you back need to have an opinion. Go on back out. I mean, obviously, continue to enjoy MinMax and spend your time online <laughs> no. with the MinMax community and everything. Yeah. But then just get away from a computer or right. a screen and spend some time in the real world with people who love you mm-hmm. and enjoy your presence and just try and do that more. 
Yeah. I try. I still fall into a real habit, though, of, like, even if I'm with loved ones, and I'll still be like, well, let me just get angry about politics real quick. Like, <laughs> I love this And stuff. that's when it's important for your loved ones to slap that phone out of your hand. Right, right. Uh, Tim Laro says, recently I met the husband of my wife's childhood friend at their house, and it was super awkward. I'm trying to figure out the, the husband of trying your, to build the diagram of so wife's childhood friend. Yes. So, you know, okay, wife wanted okay, to hang out okay. with a childhood friend, and she's married now, and it's like, okay, here's a husband. Right. You have, you have to spend time with what him. What are we going to talk That's about? That's such a weird like, How close are you to your wife's childhood friend? Well, I mean, well, if they're still if they're lifelong there, friends, well, well, right. Know. But it's like, that, that it's a, the question is basically boiling down to, like, you, you have an obligation to spend time with someone you're unfamiliar with, right? And they're weird. Yeah. Right? Not weird. It was just awkward. No, oh, I'm very it's familiar awkward. with this. <laughs> what? Because everybody's uncomfortable? No, because of the kids. Like right. if I, I want to, if I, I wanna, if my kid wants to play with another kid, I have to. Usually, it's like you have to play with the. the I'm family. in public with the the parent for like Using an the hour toys. or two. Yeah, <laughs> watching our kids and being like, "Yeah, we sure have kids, huh? Yeah, we definitely have kids." <laughs> well, here we go. All right, Tim Laro says until it was awkward until I noticed he had a whole shelf of Switch games and found out that he apparently used to work at a GameStop. It turned out that a lot of we had a lot of fun chatting games while the ladies caught up. Well, I find video games are a very awkward topic with non-gamers. It can unite us as well. That's mm. very true. It is a good point. It is, and I always like, and I can't, I can't ever hear the question without realizing what it is. But the ultimate icebreaker is: so, what are you playing right now? Yeah, you know that that's like shorthand for people who are probably socially awkward to begin with, myself included. Uh-huh. But it's just an easy way to start talking about games. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an easy way to say like I'm, I'm, in, I'm willing to hear what you have to say on this particular topic. Because I'm interested in it also. Like, yeah. yeah. I love it. Like, mm-hmm. And I think people are like, oh, you must be sick about talking about video games. I'm sorry, sorry to bring it up with you. I'm like, are you nuts? Like, I talk about video games all the time because I love talking about mm-hmm. them. Like, yeah. I will always prefer to talk about video games versus other stuff for the most part. But, like, yeah, I had this experience recently um, where, like, you know, I went out over the holidays to my girlfriend's parents' place and stuff. And, like, she has some younger brothers. And, like, her younger brother was, like, walking me through all of his xbox 360 games for a very long oh, time okay. and like everyone in the family is like hey you can bail at any point like feel free like you don't need to humor him it's totally fine like you guys nuts like we're gonna talk about the weather in seattle upstairs <laughs> or i can meet out here and play marvel vs. capcom 3 like of mm-hmm. course i'd rather be doing this this is great it's still a classic what's that 50 cent blood in the sand still a classic, <laughs> yeah, exactly. classic. which by the way Cyril, i think i'd like to because I played a lot of the first Marvel vs. Capcom, mm-hmm. and then dabbling with Marvel vs. Capcom 3 yeah. again, I think I'd like to get into that series. Yeah. Can you help me with that? Maybe. <laughs> Are you good? Or at, do you understand Marvel vs. Capcom? I, 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 I like Marvel. I don't think... I think that's the game that I'm worse at, because it just requires the, like to be good at that, or like, you know, just watching high-level plays, like yeah. the one where I feel most alienated from it, because I'm like, right. oh, these people are way faster and have practiced way more setups and stuff than I will ever even learn. But even but, your worst fighting game, you're so much better than us that we can... Oh, oh yeah. You're like the Mr. Miyagi. Of, so it's like, oh, yeah, I'm bad at this. Let me impart my wisdom onto you and make you a hundred times better anyway. Don't sell yourself so strong. Ah, ma'am. Maybe I can. <laughs> you can. This will be my journey as well. <laughs> so, I also want to play Marvel's Capcom 2, and so really? that's available on 360, so you yeah, can download I, it there, is that right? It's, uh, I want to say it got delisted, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Delisted. What do I have to do, get a Dreamcast? What's the best way to play it? Dreamcast. Then? If you're going to play it on console. Uh, yeah, better than PS2? Yeah, the, the Dreamcast version is seen as like one of the most arcade perfect. I mean, that's really. Yeah. I, I, as I 
as a youngster, I borrowed my friend's Dreamcast, and that was the game I played. Pretty yeah. Much. There, there, there were people playing that game on Dreamcast at Evo. So it's like, and, and not really? on PS2, so yeah. Jeez, that's yeah, a good at Dreamcast, and that incredibly <laughs> rare game for Dreamcast. Yeah. I think I could figure that part out. That, I will uh, say that, like, 3 is a lot more accessible. That, that, game, that game's on Steam. Yeah. So. Yeah. 2 seems very cool, though. Mm. Three still has Chandon, who's really all I care about. My, it's my got Frank West, loves. it's got Arthur, yeah. it's got Phoenix Wright in it. Yeah, it's fun. That's got Nemesis. That yeah. is true. He's yeah. very funny. Dante, right? Yeah. And Virgil. There we go. Uh, Matthew Falvey says, I loved high school sleepovers and the Nintendo 64. <laughs> AKI wrestling games and Goldeneye being top tier. Any sleepover stalwart selections, you four could say? Stalwart selections. Sleepover stalwarts. Uh, yeah, I, I really think about it like in middle school. I remember we had a sleepover at the school. Did you guys ever have sleepovers at schools? No. no. It was very weird. It was, it was awesome because it's like, okay, well, now everyone just bring a sleeping bag and you can just sleep in the school. And it was in middle school, and I saw there was like an older kid. that was like, I don't know, was Chaperone, I don't know what he was doing there. But he was playing Goldmine in 64. It was the first time I'd ever seen that. I think it was probably the first time I've ever seen a first-person shooter, which is very dumb. Um, and I remember seeing him shoot the hat off a guard. And I was like, what? is this. And then, like, diving into the multiplayer, like, once we stopped playing the campaign, my mind was completely blown. Mm. That was one of the, my favorite gaming moments of my life. Just realizing, like, what is this genre? What is this console? What is everything that I'm looking at here? Who are you? Why are you here? That's you Why old? am I sleeping in a school? Why am I <laughs> the only person that you invited to sleep over at the school? Why are we in the gym? <laughs> Why are my pants on? Uh, okay, anyway, the sleepover Star Wars. Can anything beat Goldeneye? No. Okay. I... I Fun, uh, Tony Hawk 3, like, passing the controller, I, that was the kind of stuff I liked, like, not necessarily competitive head-to-head stuff, but just, like, working together to try to beat high scores and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I, I, I had more fun with that kind of experience. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it was, like, four-player single-screen games, like anything like the, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or, like, later on, the, like, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance and, like, X-Men Legends game. Any, anything where it's like, hey, we can just sit here and just do yeah. this one thing for hours without, like, you know, we don't have to get mad at each other because we were playing a game against each other. And then, and then one person eventually, like, realizes they're way worse, and so they stop kind of investing in it. So, like, anything where you can just, like, you know, so for now, I'd be like Diablo 3 would be, like, oh, a fun. really yeah. good game to get four people together and just, like, play the crap out of it for hours. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good one. Uh, Robin Jones says, hey, I'll just a quick ponder. Why is no one on Earth calling it the light switch? I'm absolutely stunned oh, at how no. this hasn't been a thing and no one is using it apart from me. Yeah, that's a good point. That is I stunning. never thought of that. I've never yeah. considered that either. That is upsetting. I'm so sorry, Robin. They blew it. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try calling it Where's my light, light switch? switch? I can't find my light switch. My light switch is dying. Did you ever buy one, Kyle? I have one, yeah. Is that Yeah, because my kid just totally took over Pokemon, and I was jealous so my wife bought me one because she's very sweet. You know, I don't have a job. <laughs> there we go. Dylan Northrup says, I've seen several games journalists and commentators saying Cyberpunk 2077 is one of their most anticipated games of 2020. Well, I really enjoyed the genre and thought the demo shown last year was compelling. I cannot in good conscience buy the game from given C Project Red's very poor labor practices. Mm. It's actually a little frustrating to hear the breathless coverage of Cyberpunk 2077 from outlets and from this very podcast, sorry, while ignoring the conditions workers that went through to produce the game. What is the view of y'all about the situation? Also, what circumstances around the game's development would cause you to avoid playing it, regardless of the quality of the title? Well, we're in a particularly funny situation where it's like we're doing this to some degree for our careers, right? Like, and so, like, we kind of... We want to be able to do our jobs. We kind of have to play Cyberpunk, but, like, 
I, I can totally see why someone would be off of that, especially if yeah, they had a, totally. an experience specifically. Like, if you've had an experience where, like, you know, you experienced crunch or were, like, overworked and you see someone, like, getting lauded despite th- this thing happening. I can totally, like, I, like, I don't want to, like, say, like, you shouldn't, you know, like, you shouldn't feel bad about missing out on that game. Um, at the same time, though, it's, like, I don't know, like, pe- people cope in different ways. And so, like, if... if if you're telling people to say like, oh well, don't don't enjoy this thing because of this thing, like I totally get that, but it's it's more about making people aware of that kind of fact and be able to call it out and talk about it versus like, uh, like you shouldn't do this because of this reason. Like, yeah, that's sort of right. It's so complicated because the other thing is like, to boycott that game is it hurts the developer ultimately, right? Like you want to the game should sell well, it's, their work should be rewarded, but we also don't want to reward that type of work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you work this hard, the game will sell, but like it's so complicated. Like there's not a great answer because like if the game doesn't sell well then and the studio falls apart, God forbid, that's like a whole other problem. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a really tough question. Yeah, and that's that's also like every product at this point, you know, like it, it gets into the conversation of like where's your phone made? Who who's right. who's responsible for that? Um, Netflix has a whole terrible show uh, that's called Rotten. That's all about food. And, yeah. and boy, go down those episodes one at a time, and it will just ruin one type of food, avocados. You like chocolate? Guess what? You're not <laughs> going to after you watch this. Like the, it, it has become very difficult to, to be a moral consumer, yes. And yeah. I, I don't know what the answer is. I think the, 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 the best solution that I have is like to just – do both of those. It's like to burn that candle on both ends in a, in a way. Like, like if you want to play cyberpunk, don't feel bad about playing it, but also like be like be conscious about about that stuff. And like you know, specifically for journalists, I think it's important to be able to call that stuff out when you see it, and to not like try to well let's avoid talking about that because you know they might not give us preview code. Like I think that 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 sucks. But like you know, specifically when it comes to coverage, I think we should be talking about both of those things. Like, ah, I yeah, want to play absolutely. Cyberpunk, but also kind of sucks that they, you know... Yeah, like kind know, of, yeah. know the amount of work that went into that, you yeah. know, and, like, how troublesome it can be, for sure. And demand better. E- even just normal consumers, I think you can still consume the thing, but demand better from the companies that are making it. Yeah, there hopefully you go. they'll listen. Uh, James Smith says, Hello, Ben Hansom and the Mad Max crew. Thank you. Uh, which developers... Would you give the following dormant game franchises to? Here's a twist. You can't give them to anyone who has worked on them before. Okay. <clears throat> so dormant game franchises, which developer would we put on these? Okay. Resistance. 343. Three. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Get them off Halo? <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just trying to think of, like, okay, aliens, shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, who's done good alien shooters? Well, Bungie and 343. Three, I know. think a good resistance choice, 4A. The Metro team. Oh, I bet they get a really yeah, your good round to take. Your answer answer That's a good answer. Mm, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. He did it. Uh, Sly Cooper. Nintendo. I can't say Sam Zaru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say. Right, what about within Sony's family, the Astrobot team, Asobi. Yeah, that's like the best 3D platforming I've seen in a while. I know Sly Cooper's a little bit different, but I will say here's a weird one because. Jack and Daxter and Sly Cooper go hand in hand. Um, like Naughty Dog taking on a Sly Cooper because I think Sly Cooper is a more uh, sort of m- more interesting set of characters than Jack and Daxter. I think there is more sure. emotional depth to the cast of Sly Cooper than there is to Jack and Daxter. And what do you want the art style to look like? Uh, cel shaded. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't want realistic Sly Cooper. Okay. You don't want that freaky Daxter art that, like, no. or the movie, the Sly Cooper movie uh, mm-hmm. trailer that came out. That, I don't know what happened with that. That thing is just dead in the water, I guess. But oh, I, did it never come out? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Oh, when there was a thing that someone announced and then it didn't actually yeah, materialize. Yeah, not from software! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That was a movie, too. It's completely oh, different. Oh, yeah. And it might still come out. The Ratchet and Clank movie came out. And sure. I, I went and I don't care. It was a stupid joke, Kyle. Let's move on. <laughs> also, you can say Naughty Dog for any of these. Yeah. yeah I would just like to see Naughty Dog do anything. But the reason is, the re- but they have made an amazing platformer. Like, Jack and Daxter is a fantastic platformer. But they haven't made one in, like, a no, while. It's been a while. So it's like, yeah. the talent turnover is like, do, are there still a lot of people who know how to make do a good platformer? Do they even know how to make characters jump anymore? <laughs> good question. Good question. Uh, they do the thing where they're, like, they're holding a gun and they're, like, jumping <laughs> over a gap. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, you jump all the time in Uncharted. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a joke, Kyle. Move on. No, no, no. Here's a tricky one. Portal. Mmm. Uh, who made the Talos principle? Yeah. Games? That's supposed to be good, right? Ooh, what about Double Fine? Mmm. Yeah. What about humor? What about Davey Reading? Oh, that'd be interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. More for the style of humor and, and sure. Sure. Tone. Jonathan Blow? Sure. Oh, I, would, I would love to see a pretentious portal game. <laughs> That's what, what I could call it. Are there <laughs> any? Are there any just other huge like puzzle game developers? Yeah, that's what I would. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that guy, yeah. uh, um, Cappy. <laughs> Cappy, I'm sure. Okay, they do 2D stuff. All right, 2D portal. Uh, okay, uh, skate. Skate's coming back. Did you hear? And you know who's developing it? You'll never believe it. Leo Vader himself. Leo Vader himself. Let's <laughs> mm. uh, see. you got to go for a technical studio. Criterion. Criterion? Oh, interesting. That's cool. That's okay. It. okay. Crashes between people. I don't know. It's just this comic coming together. Two bodies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, it, this looks like a video montage where people keep falling off their skateboards tech. Mm. I think they would, they would have that sound. <laughs> what if it was all, like... Because skate's so technical, it broke it down so it wasn't real time, and it was like turn based, and you're controlling each joint and percentages <laughs> oh, that they move. That's so ra- terrible. That's a axis joint. So you have like 18 different keys on the keyboard for every part of the, like your feet and you your hands. The and your and and you're saying I shouldn't launch this Kickstarter for Firaxis to make skate for? Uh, go for it. Okay. Okay. What the hell? We're with this. Crisis. Valve. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty dog. <laughs> they don't do first-person shooters. Does anyone want Crisis to come back? I don't know. Uh, Leo does. You stuff Mont- or Idos Montreal, the DSX people. Okay, sure. Perfect Dark. I think Certain Affinity. And I also think that they're a likely candidate if they affinity. wanted to make a new one. They did a lot of, like, Halo support throughout the years. Um, they made Wait. like the Doom 2016 multiplayer. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. They've been in a weird spot in the industry for so long of just being on support. They had an action RPG back in like 2011. They made. Um, I forget the name of it. What about like people can fly? People can fly oh, in Perfect Dark. That's an interesting answer. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just go I'll crazy. It's happening now. Yeah. I'll take it. Fable. Watch that Kickstarter. Fable. I think Playground mm. is honestly a great choice. I think that's a super fun choice. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to see that rumored game for sure. Um, but yeah, as far, as far as like other 
because uh, you think, uh, I'm sorry, who's the Outer Worlds? Obsidian. 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 I don't know why that was, couldn't think of that yeah, name, but that sure. would be Bioware. That is an uh-huh. interesting choice, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, Dino Crisis. From Software. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, honestly, From Software Dinosaur Game? Kyle, if you had to choose, though, between From Software and Sony Santa Monica. Oh, Sony Santa Monica. Perfect. Exactly. So sit down before you fall down. Yeah. I mean, surreal. Uh, or Sucker Punch, right? They were making a dinosaur game, weren't they? Oh. Uncharted. There we go. Yeah. Just go back and make their Uncharted game. I call it Dino Crisis. Uh, he says, in the bonus round, if you're up for it, canceled games. Rainbow Six Patriots. You want somebody who's a little bit edgy. I mean, what is what's the hook of Rainbow Six Patriots? Is that it has an like an edgy story that's going to be more realistic, kind of, and then mm-hmm. the, like realistic gameplay, and then also dealing with real world issues. Yeah, I'll go with Sam Barlow, whatever he's connected to, uh, from her story. Yeah, yeah, just him, just, just him. Right. Whatever game Strange. he can make. Yep. yep. Uh, Scalebound. So Platinum, Platinum was developed. Yeah. Okay. Which is, that's another one where it's like, well, what was the hook of that the, game? Is the like Dragon's Dogma developers? Whatever team that is. Yeah, with Capcom? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they have big, they got big dragons. And you can climb what, them what if you lean into, like, the fact that it's all about him listening to music on his headphones while he's riding and battling his dragons? What if you give it to a harmonics? You're focusing on a very specific Star Wars 1313. Of course. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, James Smith, and thanks everybody else that wrote in. You all are wonderful Patreon supporters, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you. I think it's a little time for something we call Get a Load of This. Get a Load of This. Great. Jeff, I'm kicking off again then. Hey, My get man. a load of this. Hey. Yep. Uh, it's a video oh, right that now. people aren't going to be able to see. You're just going to have to add the link to it, all right? Uh-huh. Because it's a video that people should watch. Okay. Um, it's by... So this artist named Stan Prokopenko has a YouTube channel called Proko, Okay. But ba- not okay. Basically, he does a bunch of. I've been watching a lot of art and drawing videos for some reason. Okay. Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he does. He does a lot of great uh, stuff himself. But then he also interviews interesting artists and stuff. And so he has one video that we will link to. But I lost lost what it was actually called. Oh, uh, no. It is. It's called Kim Jung Gi. How to Become a Master, okay? But basically, it's this Korean artist who does drawings and illustrations. And the guy is considered a master. I had never heard of him. But he does just these insane murals. And I, I guess he's the kind of guy who's drawing all the time. Uh-huh. But, you know, with, like, ink brushes in, his in like, sketchbooks. He sell, Like, every year he will basically just sell a sketchbook that is all the drawings that he did from that year. But they are insane pictures and he does it all from imagination like uh-huh. he and he doesn't like block anything out and he he is a master to the point where he will put on these exhibitions where he will for three hours he will draw a mural and it will just be a giant sh- big 
sheet of paper on the wall, and he will just sit there and he will draw out this um, just amazing compilation, like the most creative and weird drawings that you've ever seen, just straight from his head onto the page in a way that just seems impossible to do. Yeah. And so this video specifically kind of interviews him about his process and how he's kind of gotten to that point, which essentially is just he's drawn for so many years and he's like he basically just has all these references in his head that he pulls huh. from and then he will you know he will set up a scene and he will imagine it in his mind from different perspectives and a lot of a lot of the pictures he does are with like a fish eye lens perspective oh my so God. he like warps everything around and he said that basically he does it because he's selfish and he just wants to like capture more of a scene but he just kind of intuitively knows how to work that into a perspective. And That's wild. It's Are you looking to draw? I have always dabbled and always been interested in drawing, but really? it's, it's not something that I have ever, you know, felt that I've made the progress that I've ever wanted to. And so these videos are interesting to watch and see, but just... Even if you're if you're if you don't have any aspirations of drawing for yourself, like yeah. the creativity in his drawings, some of them are a little they get a little nudie, so no. if, if that's scary to you then uh, don't do it. But just crazy crazy and interesting and very creative yeah. drawings. The link and, will be in the description yeah. along with other stuff. We should start putting it in there for so sure. Get a load of that. I love it, man. So I'm go next thing you wanna go through? Okay. Uh, so mine, uh, I'm sorry for the, the person who wrote in about Star, or, uh, Star Wars, but, uh, there was a tweet from Quentin Reviews called, uh, at Q Review. It says, holy S, Screencast just did a list of screenwriter wisdom from J.J. Abrams, and this right. is the first thing. And he screenshotted part of the article that says, quote, I hate to look at stuff I've written and consider what it means or why I do it. Quote, you don't have to overanalyze your work. You write what you write because there's something inside you compelling you to do so. Sometimes it's best not to search for answers and figure out what makes you tick. Leave it as a mystery, as magic. And everyone is yeah, looking for another dagger to use to stab J.J. Abrams at this point, but his message of yeah. don't overthink it, you get what he's going for, right? Yeah, like, don't I, try I, to read I, subtext in your own work type of thing. A little bit. Like, don't, don't try to like presuppose subtext onto that yeah. thing. But it's also like... A little. It's, it's. You can do both with those things. You Not a great it, time. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I read the rest of those tips from him, and I won't get. I won't get dragged back into this. Was <laughs> one of them? Don't worry about the ending. You'll figure it out later. Yeah, but one of them was like, you know, like find the core of the story that you're trying to tell and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, I heard him talk about that so many times in interviews. Like, what was the story you were personally excited about telling in Rise of Skywalker? Because I, I watched that movie and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Other than watch me try and please a lot of Star Wars fans. Yeah. yeah. And I think miss. But that's just personally me. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Wait. Real quick. On a oh. positive note. Oh. A quick second one is that uh, one uh, Blake Hester recently oh. wrote an article yeah. for Polygon.com called All the Money in the World Can Make Connect Happen, which is a, mm. a very long read, but I suggest you read it. It's very good. Uh, Blake is really good at finding, like, these interesting angles to things of, like, oh, I always wondered what happened with that. Yeah. He, he's very good at finding those stories and listing those out, and this is another really good read from him. And the yeah. art in it is awesome, and it's yeah. done by Joe uh, Buckles, yeah. who's uh, oh, a really? good friend of Leo. Yeah, yeah. 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 I haven't been credited as Kobe Soft Joe in the article, which is interesting, but, yeah, yeah shout out to Joe. He's yeah. cool. Yeah. Joe cool. and Blake were both GameFormer interns. Yeah. Good friends. Yeah. Kyle. Uh, mine's a lot like Jeff on this. And then it's, really, it's really very hard. There's a guy with a YouTube channel named Prox. No, mine's very short. It just made me laugh. Um, the DiGiorno Pizza Twitter account uh, tweeted recently, 
on uh, January 13th. Uh, we will not be at E3 2020 either, in case you were curious. <laughs> Do you like that, or is that just dumb brands trying like to clumsily? No, I mean, I certainly uh, roll my eyes at brands a lot, but I like that because it's like it has nothing to do with like <laughs> anything. It's yeah. a pizza brand. It's made me laugh. So that's good. It's cute. Uh, you know, like most days, I was talking with somebody about like uh, burkas for mm, Muslim women. Of course, of course. Yeah, and I brought up this hypothetical of like, how would it work if there was a Muslim woman in space? Would she wear the burqa hmm. inside the? Spacesuit? How would that work exactly? So I looked it up. Like, what are we gonna do? Turns out there have been. Uh, <laughs> what, what, how are we gonna resolve this? Yeah, what's it gonna look like? Uh, <laughs> turns out there have been a total of eleven Muslims in space, mm, uh-huh. and throughout the course of searching this, there's a Wikipedia article that was like Muslims in space. I'm like, yeah, I'm curious. Maybe I'll have the answer in there. And then there's an entry in the Wikipedia article where I'm like, oh, here's a thousand times better question that I've never even considered. There's a whole section called praying towards Mecca in space. Oh, interesting. So okay. uh, here's the Wikipedia article. Malaysia's space agency, Angkasa, convened a conference of 150 Islamic scientists and scholars in 2006 to address the question, among others, of how to pray towards Mecca in space. A document was produced in 2007 called The Guideline of Performing Worship at the International Space Station. But then it's like also trying to aim towards Mecca is difficult. But then there's also stuff like determining the prayer time. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what schedule are you on? Turns out it's from the place where you launched the spaceship from. That's what the okay. term is a prayer time. Um, there's also mm-hmm. weird stuff like physical postures of prayer are very important. And if you're in the space station, maybe you can't do all those things. So they actually create, like, hierarchies of, like, try to do this. If you can't, then just do this. And then worst case scenario, just imagine in your mind the different physical postures of prayer. If you're working in the space station, you can't make it work. But specifically for... Uh, praying towards Mecca, it says it's prioritized as a list below. So, number one, faith towards Mecca. Number two, the projection of Mecca. I'm curious what that means. I don't understand it. Number three, just face towards the earth. And number four, wherever. <laughs> and, like, it's very interesting. Like, they have a line in number here. Number four is there, like, if you just, you're, you just can't figure it just, out. You don't have the instrumentation. You need to do it. Out. And, like, yeah. in this document, they also have a, a big point at the end of saying, like, according to Islam, Traveling to space is encouraged. Like we, and we know it's challenging for Muslims in space, but, like, we were trying our best to go out of our way to make sure it's possible. So did you get an answer for the burqa? Did you ever find one? Uh, it turns out, yeah, they still uh, cover everything for women, but, like, face and hands. So I don't know exactly. Just, you just tighten the fabric, I guess, Probably, to the yeah, I don't think, yeah. yeah. I don't think you need to I do, man. Point. I love, like, just you'll, they'll pop up every now and then just, like, how to do weird things in space that you never thought about. One was, like, washing your hair. Like, there's this mm. woman just walking you through, like, this is how I have to get, this is how I get my hair wet in zero gravity. Here's how I apply shampoo. Here's how I remove the shampoo. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, that's, I love that kind of stuff. It's because, you know, I, I'd never think about that, you know? Talk about your favorite genre, stuff going wrong in space. This is stuff going right in space. Yeah. And they figured it out. There there was a, a series of tweets that one person put out uh, that was all about, like, the first women in space. Mm-hmm. And, and they were talking about just how, like, how smart the scientists are at NASA, but how completely dense they were when oh, it comes right. to women. And and one of the one of the anecdotes they brought up was one of the scientists like sheepishly came up to the first astronaut because you know they have to like they have to weigh everything that they're going to be bringing into space. And yeah. That's very important, so they have to go through every single item. And he and he came up and he was like, "Is 200 tampons enough for a week in space?" And she was like. 
That's way too much. And and, and they said that he ended up packing a hundred instead. <laughs> just that, like, who are these idiots? These are the guys who are going to be hey, shooting better, you into space. Better to have too much than not enough. That's, that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Also, you can use it for some other tools. I'm sure Probably, based in Apollo 13 yeah, you know, situation, yeah. Yeah, all yeah, the same yeah. by a hundred tampons strung together. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we'll get back down to Earth. Tampon, <laughs> <laughs> the tampon ladder. Hey, whatever works. Yeah, whatever works. Out. There we go. Uh, thank you so much for watching and listening to the Midmax Show podcast this week. Um, let's see. We're going to be streaming Cash and Guns well, on we're Thursday shoot night. Each other. That's right. So that archive will also be available if you're listening to this later. Uh, if you're a five dollars supporter on Patreon, you can find it there. Also, a lot of other fun stuff unlocked there. Um, we have plenty of surprises coming up. New logos in the works. A little bit of a slight visual overhaul. A little bit of a relaunch. Relaunch of Midmax is coming up in. Uh, February at some point is the plan, so please look forward to that. There might be some new shows added as well in conjunction with that. Um, but thanks for all the support on Patreon. You guys have been lovely, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, play Chrono Trigger. And play Chrono Trigger for the deepest dive. Yeah, good reminder. All right, be good, have fun, let's go. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That's your bright new day, well, actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Min Max Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Whoa! Serial Vasquez. Hi. And Jeff Markio. Hey. Oh, what are you doing here? Just like old times. Yeah. Now, where were we <laughs> before we were so rudely interrupted? <laughs> Oh, man, this is weird. This is what we're considering an episode zero, just to kind of give the lay of the land of what this is, what we see the content looking like, what the future may hold, what it isn't, what it might be, what it could be. Uh, a thank you for people tuning in, watching, or listening to this. There's a lot of groundwork to lay and a lot of room to explore, mistakes to be made. <laughs> There's Absolutely. so much to try and iron out here. But number one question is, Jeff Marquefava, how have you been? I've been doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the layoffs that came before, Carl Hilliard and Sergio Vasquez, 
have been streaming, uh, yeah. writing freelance reviews, scrambling, scrambling on the treadmills of society. And you, every time I call you, you're sitting in your lawn uh, with a drink in your hand, I believe? Yeah, pretty much. What are you Just doing? constantly being woken up on naps by Hanson. You know, I haven't had to scramble as much, and so I've been taking advantage of it. So what does that mean? It means I got severance. Hanson? <laughs> Look, what's your address? How much money do you pay in here? What are the last four days What is it like to be disconnected from Game Informer and to be unemployed? Um, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, Have you cried? Uh, oh, wow, going straight to crying. <laughs> uh, yeah, like when early when I was processing it and kind of found out, and it's most it was more mostly just like my wife being super cool and supportive about it. Oh, That's wow. the kind of thing that gets to me, not like right. You know, a job's a job, but it's like... Former co-workers or former when, co-workers. When people band together, you know, it's same thing in movies. It's a known weakness for me. That's, uh-huh. like, that's what touches me. So. That's, that's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, and Serial and Kyle, you guys have been streaming, freelancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, has it been fun? Ah. Has it been interesting? Yeah, it's fun. I like okay. streaming. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's. I like writing about games, so I want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, the act of freelancing of, like... Sending emails and following mm-hmm. up with people because I didn't get paid, and then following up a couple of days later because I didn't get paid. That part's not fun. I don't like that right. part. <laughs> Sometimes you have to work for your paycheck. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> this at all. Yeah. Uh, this is bizarre. Uh, some people might be wondering why now. What what's happening? Why are you launching well, a I Patreon? Think a bunch of us got laid off. Right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, I, I, don't know better to yeah, yeah. I don't want to dwell too much on the past. Like I want to move forward by and large with this. This isn't going to be the yes. unpack yeah. what happened in your final day of the Game Informer show Except over and over again. Except for asking Jeff if you cried. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else happened. Right? <laughs> I don't know what freaky life is like. Yeah. Um, but it was, a, it was a weird timeline because uh, when those layoffs happen, it's like, well... I don't see any other option here for myself other than trying to keep people together in the best way that I can, which involves uh, uh, decorating my basement and buying a bunch of equipment mm-hmm. and just uh, shoehorning everybody down into this creepy dark spider cellar. I'm um, getting that candle you were always <laughs> talking about from <laughs> the office. I was like, it's a fire hazard. I don't know. But also it was tricky because uh, those layoffs happened, and then at the same time uh, it was like, okay, Kyle, I don't know if you remember this. But it's like, hey, we have a Pokemon cover story trip. You, you got to pack up and go to Tokyo. <laughs> oh, did you guys, did you guys go and do that one? Yeah, we ended up doing that. Kind of, oh, cool. Uh, Brian Shea wrote it. Yeah, no, it was great. Yes, it was, yes, good. Congratulations to Brian Shea for writing his first cover story. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's solid, and, and it was a fun month of coverage um, in the most bizarre circumstances. But because of that, it's like, well, it's not fair to the Pokemon company for me to, like, drop out of this before, like, we've released all that content. It's not their fault what happened. I can think of some other people's faults, but it's not it's not <laughs> Pokemon Company's fault. And so then it just becomes like, all right, let's finish all that off and then head out the door and, and start a new adventure. Um, Kyle, what uh, what do you want to do? Uh, podcast. Pod- really? You yeah. miss podcasts? About video games. I do miss it, yeah. I miss being able to talk about games with you guys. I like you guys. That's sweet. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we have other show ideas, too. That was kind of my reaction, too, when you... you sent me a message not too long after, I don't even know if I was back in town yet um, when you sent it, but you were like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this, you know, making my own studio, and it wasn't clear, you know, that you were 
wanted to make a Patreon or anything at that yeah. point. But you were, but the basic pitch was just, I want to build my own studio and bring people back in to talk about video games at various times. And I was like, right. oh, that's perfect. Like, that is the kind of outlet that I would love to still have. I was expecting you to be more in the camp of like, ah, maybe, we'll see when I get a full-time job, if I have time for it. But I was amazed that I think you sent me the 100 emoji uh, over Slack uh, that you seem to be... <laughs> Super into it. Sure. It was very heartwarming. That was actually a salary I would like a hundred thousand. I want one dollar. <laughs> but no, but that's but this is my favorite part of the old job. You know, it's yeah. just being around you guys, being around my friends from mm-hmm. GI and talking about video games. And stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and we should explain how this is going to work. Like, I, I know it seems. Bizarre with this setup already, but in my mind, we speak into the microphones, that's and it right. picks it up, and that's then we right. upload it to like YouTube or whatever uh-huh. that we do, uh-huh. and then people listen to it with their iPods in. Keep going, that and then good. and then at some point you hate your job less. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't hate my job. I love gaming. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the listener. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, for them. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah work, working out becomes manageable. Yeah. Yeah. Driving is fun again. Anyway, I've been doing a lot of running the podcast. I recommend it. Yeah. I was thinking about how much I disagreed with someone. One on a podcast, and they got me through an entire run. Oh, oh on the beach? Yeah. No, but other <laughs> podcasts. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, just talking about how this works, it's like uh, it seems like, hey, it's going to be the Hanson, Jeff, I'm Surreal, Kyle show, and like I don't want it to be that. Like, <sighs> sorry, <Come> on, <laughs> we're yeah. handing out the reins to my neighbors. Too long. <laughs> uh, no, like I see MinMax as a larger network um, of a place for a lot of really talented people to come in and create content and pump it through. Pump it through the system, right? Mm. Because, like, that's, I think, what was so fun about Game Informer, specifically with the podcast, was just, like, taking this older entity that's larger than me, you know, that I felt like I was a small Mm. part of, and then just seeing, like, oh, it's just a treadmill of interesting content coming through and just trying to corral that and arrange this thing that's bigger than me and funnel it down into a podcast every week with the Game Informer show, that was, like, the most fun thing in the world. And so that was the scary part. I was like, okay, well, if I build a studio in my basement, it's going to look awesome. But outside of that, it's just stressful because, like, well, where does – like, what am I doing? Am I just monologuing about games I've played? Like, I don't want to do that. Um, I'd watch that, yeah. (laughs) And so then it's like, ah, but if we're funneling down, like, the wonderful people from around the area where we're based, which is Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and kind of – funnel those good conversations down to this min-max outlet, I feel like we can have a lot of talent come through and hopefully be fair to everybody by contracting out. So we're going to be adding more shows, adding more podcasts, hopefully as it grows, uh, to keep the variety. Because I feel like the variety was a really important thing with Game Reformer overall, that it wasn't completely consistent. People were clapping in, clapping out. We get the smartest person that knows this franchise, this franchise is trying to make it as good as possible. So I wanted to keep that flavor, even though we're no longer in those hollowed halls. Also, I should point out, uh, the Game Informer show is still going on. Like, it's, it's a tough thing. It's not a F those guys mentality. Like, no. we're mm-hmm. leaving. I just left, like, a lot of my friends that are still there, and they're still trying hard, and there's still a ton of talent in that building. So, you know, don't see this as, uh, you know, the end of Game Informer in any way. Like, definitely still support them. They could use support now more than ever. Um, you know, it, it, towards the back half of this year has not been easy. Um, so please, you know, keep listening to the Game Informer show. Send them feedback and keep watching the content. 
reading the magazine, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And they know we're doing this too and rooting us on as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and still, we're going to be going back for Extra Life this year. That That's big. That's going to be really fun. Uh, planning that in my last week at Game Informer has been... <laughs> Fun. Stressful, but fun. I'm just like, yeah. I think I got this. And then you start realizing, like, oh, I always forget how much work extra life is. But we're not going to let Leo uh, tackle that all on his own, and, and he'll kill himself. Like, we're still there to, to support him uh, any, way, any way we can and stuff. Um, let's see. But, yeah, I, I feel sad about, you know, dividing the family. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, there's still so many great people at Game Informer, and you know, who knows? I'd love to collaborate. Yeah, a lot you more in the you future. didn't actually divide the family, though. Oh, yeah, 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 right? <laughs> okay, uh, so then the the question becomes like, what do we create? Um, it's exciting when you get this moment of, oh, yeah, that's right. If it's just the community and us, no corporations, no middlemen, mm-hmm. and just for the record, like I had just an unbelievable amount of freedom at Game Informer. I really, really love that. I think. A lot of people there did. Yeah, I feel um, like it did, yeah. yeah, especially on the video side. Like it was rare where I'd pitch something and it would not go through. You know, but it's exciting to have this level of freedom just to be like, oh, all those like weird one-off ideas, any sort of pitches that kind of got a mixed reaction. But it's like, oh, if the community wants us to do it, we can create anything mm-hmm. together, right? As long as we're on the same page. I think it's so exciting. Um, so here's what we have. It goes a little something like this. There's the MinMax Show, which is a podcast. That is free for everybody. Just to be clear, that's still going to go out on, uh, you know, podcast feeds and also YouTube. Uh, everywhere the sun's shining, you can get the MinMax Show. We that's don't want to. Where it says not shine. That's right. In the basement. Uh-huh. What are you talking No. That's a beautiful <laughs> oh, window. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know what you're you. talking about. Um, uh, some tense of the show. Uh, I... Definitely want to put timestamps in the podcast. I loved when people appreciated that. I love doing it, so all MinMax shows will have timestamps. Mm. Um, uh, question. Yes. Are you still going to go through the trouble of bleeping all that f***ing profanity all the time? Cool. I saw that joke coming. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I, I saw you had profanity, Damn it. so I wanted to, to get in there. Right uh, i got to type it out. I don't have paper anymore because I don't have a printer in the house. You could you'd write down the timestamp there? Uh, uh, yeah, I got it. And yeah. it's, I took the paper in the contract. It's just like you can't use paper anymore. <laughs> but uh, I like censoring the podcast. I, I, I feel like it makes them stand out. People just want to know if they can listen to gaming podcasts on their kids or not. And so I always liked people that appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping to keep censoring the podcast. Other video content we create, probably not going to be censored. But the podcast, the Minmax show, absolutely. You're not going to censor live streams? I'm not planning on it. (laughs) Just yell bleep. Whenever you feel just anticipated. Put a little black thing over your mouth. Put a clothespin on your lips. Um, So, let's see. Uh, We want to keep this moving as well. I think there's also a temptation to be like, oh, we're on our own. Let's just sit back and relax, and I'll talk about what I had for breakfast for 45 minutes. Everybody knows that cereal's a... Expertise, so I want to touch that. Wait, are you canceling that show where I talk about my restaurant? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying I want to keep this moving. I want to cover a lot of ground and hopefully have interesting conversations about games on the Big Max show. Um, the rest of the Patreon, there's going to be some more chill stuff. We're going to be doing live streams we'll get to in a bit, so expect more of that kind of relaxed, long-form thing. But MinMax, I'm, I'm hoping to keep it moving for the main podcast. Uh, but it's a Patreon. You're supposed to get personal and bizarre with a Patreon, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my life has to come on and make you cry. I don't know how else to do Perfect. it. I mean, I've got a list of inside jokes. I'm ready to just pull the trigger on mm-hmm. it. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, timing of the Minimax show. This one's tricky, right? When do we air it? Um, I'm leaning towards airing it every Thursday. I feel like people, especially with podcasts, are, they love their rituals. 
and people got used to listening to a show that might sound a little bit like this one every Thursday. So like, well, let's just keep releasing it Thursday, right? Cyril, mm-hmm. do you agree? Now you've got two shows. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Um, let's see. Other things, there's going to be some new segments in the Minmax show, stuff like that. We'll be doing uh, the version of community emails. Now it's going to be Patreon-supported, right? And so if you uh, support us for $2 a month, then uh, we'll put out a call every week for questions, and you can post your questions in there, and we'll pull the very best of the best and then read it on the and show. And we'll actually care about our answers now. There, uh, Well, hang on. There is something to it, because we used to get so many great emails, and it was just it was a fire hose. And it's like, if we got a fraction of those emails, but, like, we actually had time to prepare a little bit more and, like, dive in and actually really focus on this, I think it's going to lead to interesting discussions, you know, instead of just being like, yeah, what's the greatest opening in a game? Uh, Mass Effect 2. All right, what's the next one here? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like no, that should be a 30-minute conversation, yeah. you know? Not should be, but could be. Um, let's see, other things that we're going to be doing. Um, game club style format content. <laughs> uh on the Game Informer show, we did Game Clubs, which is something that I loved going back to 1UP. I used to yeah. have Game yeah. Clubs, and so I always, always loved that on 1UP FM. And so reviving that format for Game Informer was so fun, and I love doing it so much. I want to keep it rolling uh, with Minex overall. The name has never been great, Game Clubs. It's a concept more than it actually works, I think, as so like a specific name. Um, so I'm thinking about calling them a name that Jeff Akrovic from Game Informer used to make fun of me a lot for, but the deepest dives because he would always give me crap because every coverage trailer I'd say hey you're taking a deep dive on Pokemon Sword and Shield like yeah everything's a deep dive we got it we got it but what if game clubs became the deepest dive mm-hmm. sometimes you see like double stuff and then there's like extra stuff and then now this is the most stuff. very <laughs> smart you need scuba equipment yeah. we're going down so Hell, you're going to have yeah. one podcast and then you're out for the rest of the afternoon you cannot reason get it from <laughs> I love it enough sugar in that thing to kill you <laughs> no, but this is exciting if I may interject please um, because setting up game clubs was always really hard, you know, just uh-huh. with it was such a time commitment for the staff and everyone was always so busy yeah. that we really had to be picky and choosy about what kind of games we picked. And now and you're sitting in your dumb yard. That's right. I got all the time <laughs> in the world. So it has to be uh, handheld games exclusively. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but there there was always that extra layer of well, what's feasible versus what do the fans actually, you know, like right. what do they want to talk about? And yeah. now they can help pick that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first one, this is a very recent edition. It's like, F it. Let's do Outer Worlds as a game club. I'm sorry, a deepest dive <laughs> out of the Already game. It. Right? Uh, and so just to be clear again, taking a step back, uh, deepest dives are going to be not in the MinMax show. That's going to be a separate video. Also, if you want the audio version, that's going to be under this all-holy $5 tier on Patreon. So you can still access it for free, but if you want, you know, maybe a more convenient way, then we're going to put it in that exclusive show with tier, which is the $5 tier, which, again, I'll outline all that stuff later. There's a lot of numbers and mm-hmm. stuff to go around, but, hey, we want to keep this thing alive and sustainable and growing and everything, right? So, Outer Worlds. Um, I've been playing it. I've really been enjoying it. I am at a point now where... It's like, oh, this would be a great place to stop for the Deepest Dive. So the first episode of the Outer Worlds Game Club slash Deepest Dive, uh, we're going to try airing on October 30th. Spooky. Very spooky. Well, it's not important. Okay. Uh, so the goal is 
but right before you get to the planet Monarch, that's when you're going to stop playing. Monarch. And don't don't get off, off the ship onto Monarch is kind of the, the goal You here. land on Monarch, but you don't step out. Yes. Okay. And if this is, you know, if you're not familiar with the format, the way it's going to work, and especially now because it's a little bit more complicated, is we'll have a post on the Patreon from MinMax, two ends, don't forget, please. Um, we'll have a post on the Patreon and getting your feedback, getting your thoughts, specific points of feedback are great of like, oh, Outer Worlds, I love this exchange, this character, this enemy, I love this system. Get as specific as you possibly can in your feedback, and then we read it, and we all have a deep dive on Outer Worlds. Uh, so October 30th is going to be that first episode. Just so people aren't freaking out too much. Please. Uh, how far into the game is that? Like, how, how much can people expect? Uh, Honestly, I got there in... I was breathing too fast, and I'm going to be going back and, and playing some stuff again. Uh, but I got there in about three hours. It's somewhere between three and ten hours, I'd say, okay. for that opening chunk. And uh, it's, it's worth noting that um, at least if you're playing on Xbox, it's part of Game Pass. Yeah. So if yeah. you don't want to spend, I don't know what the full price of the game is, but yeah. you can yeah. play through the Game Pass. That's right. Also cheaper. available on the Epic Game Store mm-hmm. if you're playing on PC, yeah. uh, which... I'm playing on PS4, and I was expecting it to uh, be rough, and there's some technical, you know, issues like, oh, cloud textures look bad and stuff like that, but it's not nearly as bad as I was expecting playing on just a, a base PS4 yeah. as well. Yeah. And if, you have, if, you, if you have a PS4 or a PC, if you have $60, it's free as well. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart, man. Uh, okay, other content from MinMax. We got uh, what we're calling MinMax Mondays, which is going to be weekly. It's going to be a live... Q&A slash viewing party. Live. Live. So oh it's going to be every Monday. It's going to be a place um, just to come talk about what's happening at MinMax. If you have questions, feedback, words of wisdom, anything like that uh, for MinMax Mondays, that's going to be just a nice chat. But I think hopefully what separates it from uh, the Holies of Holies, otherwise known as Cup of Jones over on Easy Allies, because I really love Easy Allies, is I think it'd be fun too, like to make it a viewing party, so we can use SyncTube or another service and all just agree during this live Q and A on some YouTube video, not something unreasonably long, please, you know, mm-hmm. but like something like from ten minutes to an hour, and just watch it together and comment on it. It could be a video from our past. It can be. Any video on the internet, you know, if there's there's some big YouTube video that you want to watch as a group, we can talk about it and all agree on it and then and then watch it. And I think that'd be fun. It's a little live commentary. Um, my plan is like, oh, I have like a streaming station upstairs. I can stream that on my own. If you guys are free or anybody else is free, mm. it's, it'll probably be a little bit fluid of who's on that uh, type of thing. Um, now this leads into this next one, another live stream. Uh, this is going to be every Tuesday. Tuesday, I think, is still the big big gaming release day in some ways, right? So every Tuesday, we're going to have a group stream. Uh, and with the group stream, uh, we'll all get together realistically until we get some equipment down here because we need a gaming PC uh, in, in the wonderful icebox basement here. Sorry, I'll um, around, please. Yeah, please. Uh, but we'll be doing it probably in my living room uh, every Tuesday. It's going to be very exotic. Yeah, we're everywhere. Um, and so that's going to be called The Great Goatee Hunt. Just for some framing for playing a game every single week, it'll be, hey, could this game be game of the year? Mm-hmm. It's going to be varied what we're actually playing, but just as a way to play games together once a week in a live stream. That's, the that's Great Goatee Hunt. 
That's right, the great goatee hunt. Okay. You agreed to this beforehand. Yeah, you loved it. I was team gotcha goatee. <laughs> well, look, when we got a goatee, we can yeah. scream oh, gotcha okay. goatee. Okay. okay. Uh, other stuff. Uh, something I'm excited about, and I this is another one of those murky things, is I, I would love to try doing, like, news videos. Like, part reaction, part just if I have any insight on a big news story, if there's a megaton that, that drops, just to crank something out, kind of like a little quick video essay and stuff. Jeff, I know you're interested in that yeah. format, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really done too much of that. I think it'd be really fun. So that'll be churned out for free uh, throughout the life. I don't know. <laughs> um, also, uh, spoiler cast. We love doing them. We want to do them um, for games, TV shows, movies. I mean, it's just it's a good catch-all, and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to doing that. Uh, uh, the work in progress name right now is the Mighty Spoiler Cast. Um, I mm. think I just wrote that because when I first came up with the name Min Max, I was like, why do I like it? It's like, oh, that's right, because I really liked Mighty Max as a kid. So mm-hmm. I just wrote the word Mighty in there somewhere. We had to come up with a lot of names really fast. Oh, so. my God. Maybe on a future episode of the Min Max show, we could run down mm-hmm. all the names, because that oh, is fun. fun, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, exclusive shows. Uh, we'll keep them secret for now. Right now, we're planning on making two exclusive shows and expanding that pool beyond that, right? And mm-hmm. so we'll keep them secret, but that's going to be in that $5 tier a month, and you'll get access to these exclusive shows. Um, one, I have had the idea written down for, like, four years, and I am so excited to make it. The more I think about it, the more excited I get, and Kyle, right, I want you as my right-hand man no, we'll to make your it. your right-hand, not your left-hand. Oh, sorry. Um, let's see. Other stuff that I want to do, I want to do community meetups. You know, uh, the site's called MinMax, two ends, uh, and obviously it's broad. It's going to be gaming content, hopefully, for, for everybody interested. But, like, oh, the beauty of being in Minnesota and in Minneapolis is, like, I would love to get out and interact with fans and record podcasts live, uh, do some game trivia live, stuff like that. Just get people together. I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be really exciting. I floated the idea, and you guys did not respond at all in Slack, but I think it'd be fun to have our Game of the Year debate live. For sure. With the community. What would be better than that? Let's have a debate about that. (laughs) (laughs) Would that debate be with the community, though? What's that? With the, with, with the community. Well, debate with the community whether we're going to do the game of the year. I was wondering that with they would be like, oh, I think you, this game and everyone boos. Is that like, is that? Mm-hmm. You just want boos. They're basically the audience, it. right? They're not, like, I guess, working out specifics about how they would interact with Well, the audience that. will vote on whether or not the audience we're gets stupid. to boo. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I do believe is how that works. I don't know if it's really it's the right round, but it's all about, like, engaging with the community yeah. and the audience and, like, mm-hmm. listening to what they want and then seeing what we can do. Um so that is the, the lineup of content we're, we're launching with here. Um, overall, it's exciting. It's also just a bizarre thing. Of I keep bouncing back and forth in my mind between, is this going to be a lot of work? Or, like, is this going to be, like, a good opportunity to really dive into games and create a better podcast based on focusing on games a little bit more? Um, and so we want to just set this out of the gate and then expand from there. Yeah. Or if I'm dying somehow <laughs> from the workload, maybe scale it back. But the goal is, you know, the more we raise on Patreon, the more we want to expand it, the more mm-hmm. we want to bring more folks in to help out, to make great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the future, it'd be great to do uh, more game streams, stuff like that. Um, developers, developer interviews. Uh, the MinMax show, right now we're not planning on having uh, weekly developer interviews or anything like that. It's like, let's just focus on community first, but 
I love talking to developers. It's my favorite thing in the world. And so I would love to do that more in the future. I'd love to get developers involved, whether that's interviews over Skype, interviews in person, uh, flying out and making documentaries. I could do that. Uh, I'm a video producer. Um, so there's a lot of options. And so if you're a developer interested, like reach out. Hanson at minmax 2 endscom um, I'd, I'd love to work that out in the future. You know, and maybe it's just a matter of we create an interview show down the road, but I don't want to leave that hanging because mm-hmm. I think access to developers is, is incredible. Um, let's see, other stuff. Uh, Jeffum, you were very interested in tabletop coverage. Yeah. Yes, that's something we want to do in the future. Yeah, as well. we're still trying to figure out what that would be, but one of the options certainly would, you know, Doing reviews of tabletop games or recommendations for people of tabletop games, but yeah. then also playing them as well yeah. live. There's there's so much room there, and it'd be really fun to dive in. It's just a matter of let's figure out the workload, figure out what that mm-hmm. looks like before yeah. we do it, hopefully right. Um, the other thing is, you know, when you have to write a thousand things about what MinMax is and everything, one of the things I wrote down is like, oh, it's a place where we love games. Like, there's still a part of me that's just like, I... It's stupid to use the phrase game positive, but I feel the way like I don't want to be snarky about games. I want to make a place that is celebrating games, and I think it's nice to have an outlet in the center of the country, right? I feel like everybody has so much content coming from the coast, and I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but every once in a while I feel like there's kind of like a snarky, a little bit jaded tone every once in a while. If I may, how dare you? I. I just feel like no, there's so you. much room just to be sincere and talk about these games that we love, right? Totally, I agree. Without I like bashing, I, I love a lot of sites out there. I'm just saying sometimes the tone can drive me insane. Yeah. Uh, we love video see. games. That's right. So they're good. They're good. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> I'm so glad you're on board. <laughs> that was uh, awkward. Like so, place where we love games, friends, obviously, you guys, more people, blah, 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 blah. Um, and getting better. That was one of, like, the first things I really wanted to do is just that idea of, okay, when the layoffs happened, it's just that brutal moment of, like, oh, God, what uh, what really matters here? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What, the, what yeah, have totally. I done that stands out? And a lot of it's, like, okay, community interaction, that meant a lot. Um, and I think... It also just uh, puts things in, you know, it feels a little bit nowhere near it, but a little bit like a death, right? And it just reframes things a little bit in your mind of just thinking like, okay, I could do a lot of things better in my life. (laughs) I'm not the greatest person all the time. And so that was like one of the first early ideas was that like, oh, it'd be great to have a site dedicated to games, but also just soft self-improvement themes overall for some of the shows in particular and so right now we're focusing on games. I don't want to create, you know, 14 exercise shows or any of that nonsense, but just like a nice positive vibe mm-hmm. overall and kind of like an overarching umbrella of self-improvement was one of the early things. I hope it comes through. We can context. do a Ring Fit Adventure weekly podcast. Absolutely, man. I, I love Ring Fit Adventure. I think we've probably all been feeling that vibe yeah. You know, yeah. since that happened, kind of reevaluating things and wanting to do better. Yeah. So. For sure. Um, also in the future, um, if, you know, Patreon goes well enough, uh, I'd love to get a real studio. You know, renting studio space in Minnesota should not be insanely expensive. It should be doable. And I think it'd be really fun to have a place to hang out, to stream more, to get folks together and stuff. I mean, this basement is awesome, though. Yeah. 
they'll have to compete with this skyline, obviously. Perfect Dark. Going back to the candle. Oh, Perfect Dark might be a tease of something coming up next week, Kyle. I don't want to spoil anything in particular. Joanne Dark, come here. Jeffum's wife, Joanna Dark. Oh, cats out of the bay. Overall, I was thinking about this, like, best case scenario, six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, looking back at this episode, it's going to seem bizarre and wrong and ugly and stupid. You guys remember when they did that first episode? Yeah. And it was just like, what are they talking about? They wanted to make it self-improvement. It ended up, yeah, just being all a site dedicated to the band AFI. It's really weird (laughs) when they moved to Florida right after and they just kept the name. Uh, They wouldn't shut up about that candle. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, uh, you know, we want input from the community. Uh, That's the goal of the thing, is to communicate with everybody more, dive in deeper, you know? I Mm -hmm. feel like... Um, a lot of companies are trying to get bigger and bigger. We want to focus in a way, get smaller and smaller and tap into like, hey, we want to bring everybody joy in the best way we can. Tell us what content that would be, right? Um, We'll have a lot to talk through, and hopefully we have enough avenues to figure this out together. Um, Cyril, you brought up the great idea of what if we just introduced ourselves yeah, because I, fi- I figured, I mean, a lot of people are obviously coming in from, from the old country. Uh, and, uh, Transylvania. But, but, you know, there's some people who might just be looking for a podcast and might yeah. just see this. And, and I, I thought it'd be good to have, like, a, hey, who are these people? Why right. Why am I listening to a bunch of dudes talking about video games for the umpteenth time? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it goes a little something like this. Serial, who are you, baby? Well, I'm a, a Libra. Uh, no, I'm actually, I think I'm an Aquarius. Uh, <laughs> Why would you the lie? Okay. I'm sorry. I just, it's the first one that came to mind, even though it's not my, even though you would think it would be mine. Uh, I'm a gamer, you know? <laughs> this is your idea, bro. <laughs> no, uh, uh, I mean, I was, I, was, uh, I was the fighting game guy at, at Game Informer, so I like that. I like uh, yeah. watching a lot of the, the competitive stuff. Um, but you know, I I mostly gravitate towards the the action oriented end of the spectrum. I do like a good story in a game, but it's it's for the yeah, most part uh, my for the most part I do like sort of uh, games that require you know timing and, and things like that that have yeah. systems and things like that interact differently. Yeah, uh, you're very broad. Let's get yeah. more specific. Give me your top three games of all time. Of all time. Uh, Number one is Killer7, yeah. which kind of proves that mm. I don't know anything. You'll fix that post, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, we always bleep Killer7. <laughs> uh, number two is Dota 2, which is the, maybe the most systems-heavy game you can think of the side of Dwarf Fortress. Interesting. Uh, and number three is Advanced Wars Dual Strike, mm. which is the game that I love. Yeah. A game uh, you once yeah. said you think about every day. Yeah. And yet, like, I feel like, like there are games that you guys probably <laughs> think about every day. No. I love show. games. Every day is a tall order, man. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm glad you love it. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> is opening Gmail a little bit like a game? I guess I probably think about that <laughs> every day, technically. Yeah, if you rearrange the the letters in Gmail, they spell gaming. Oh. Mm. Wait, oh. Don't oh. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Don't think about it. If you do gaming at gmail.com, you rearrange the letters. How much time have you spent in Mexico in your life? Uh, quite a bit. I, I used to live there. Uh, when, how old were you when you lived there? Uh, uh, from zero to four. Wow. And then I lived in Anaheim for a few years. I want to say like eight. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Nebraska until I got a job uh, here. And then, yeah. and now I'm still here. That's awesome. And you're yeah. 
hopefully going to stay in Minnesota. Yeah, uh, and then and to answer your question, I, vi- I visited Mexico a few times. Oh, sure. Year, but, uh, I just think it's an interesting tidbit uh, of, of your of your life's journey. Jeff Marquefava, sum yourself up. Uh, I'm Jeff Marquefava. I like games. Do you this think is so good? hard. <laughs> it's weird. Well, it's just hard to start, start, start with start. Three games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I like open world games mostly. Yeah. Action games have uh, some strategy games, stuff like that. I'd say. Well, we we did do our top ten list at some point. Yeah. And I think I moved up Tetris as the number one because I was mm. like, you know what? Like, it's stupid that this hasn't been the top yeah. game of all time since right. I've played it. And the best version of Tetris yeah. is. Tetris Splash on Xbox Live Tetris Arcade. Yes, two D Tetris. <laughs> I know, no, no, but like, which, which release? No. Uh, that actually is a legitimate question. What is your favorite Tetris? Yeah, come on, Hachi. When you think about um, it, the, the one, the game, one that I've it, played yeah. the most is Tetris Worlds, pro- honestly, on Xbox. But like, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But Tetris Effect is out of here. Oh, Tetris Effect is good. You think that's the, the number one Tetris? I don't know. No multiplayer? You out of your goddamn mind? Yeah, but it's... It's fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I, I don't know. the best more version. You want that or the, the Super Nintendo version. I okay. okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, otherwise, Red Dead and Last of Us. Okay. Red Dead 1? It was. I don't know. I still think I still haven't beaten Red Dead Two. This is a cipher loving game. Yeah, I, I, love it. I love it. I love it so house. much that I'll oh never beat god. it. Oh my god! Oh uh, my god! Kyle, let you go fast. Go uh, and fast. Okay, favorite games: Ocarina of Time. Really love Zelda. I wrote a freaking book about Zelda. Yeah, so I love it. Uh, I would. I think I would put Inside second. I love I, it. I think about Inside every day. And then probably like Mega Man X. But you know, oh right, yeah. Um, but that's like there's a lot of nostalgia there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I like action games. I don't play sports. I don't really like right. strategy. But yeah, open worlds. I like Red Dead Two more than Red Dead One. I think. And then um, I have a feeling you were raised partly in South Carolina and then came to Minnesota eventually. Yeah, Rhode uh, <laughs> Island. Moved to South Carolina. Lived in Minnesota. You had a mother. Oh, oh, wait. Did you know I, I have a daughter? Oh, fun. Yeah. Been, yeah, yeah. How was her name? Could you like show me like 400 pictures? Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to reveal the exclusive show. Uh, yeah. One of them is just, yeah, Claire's it's, it's, story it's time. It's me talking about playing Hello Neighbor with my daughter. Oh, no, thank you, Okay, sir. That's how I feel. Okay, for me, I uh, grew up in Minnesota, like 100 miles west of here near the town of Wilmer. Uh, by here, I mean Minneapolis is where we're streaming from. On an asparagus farm, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, we, raised, uh, we grew asparagus and tomatoes. Raised it. Come here, all you asparagus. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, came here and worked at a TV station, then worked at Game Informer, and then uh, quit Game Informer, which was weird. Uh, weird. And then, uh, yeah, I built a studio in my basement. Um, but top three games, uh, Gmail. Gmail, number one. <laughs> if you remove nostalgia is always my criteria, then it's, Email. Shadow Classes number one, Final Fantasy number two, <laughs> and Metal Gear Solid one. Number one, three. Solid one. Okay. See, if you include the Solid, then seven is more impactful than Shadow Classes. Twin Snakes or Metal Gear Solid? What are you talking about? Is anybody choosing Twin Snakes? <laughs> got a serial yeah. killer. I got Mario in it. Mind, right? <laughs> yeah, they can. Psycho um, Mantis says Super Mario Sunshine. It's the greatest. Yeah, he does. Uh, that and, is very and, fun. And, and uh, Mario and Joshi are in the room where Otacon pees himself. Oh, so it's a better game. Well. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, and in general, I think every game is, you could grade on a spectrum, which is uh, the closer it is to Paper Mario, <laughs> conceptually or in any way, mm. the better the game is. I should play Steven Universe. Save the leg. 
I have played it. Oh, really? It's, oh, okay. it's pretty good because it's like <laughs> Paper Mario. Yeah. Um, so we're with those uh, Super Mario Brothers RPGs that the developer... Alpha Dream? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm actually not crazy about them, mm. uh, which is sacrilegious. I, like, I love about the inside story and stuff, but, man, I played through Dream Team, feel like, not that long ago, and it's just I don't like the pacing and them. Just It feels like the entire game is a tutorial, and there's a tight balance between that versus variety, and I feel like that game, it just, all those games towards the end just felt like a slog. Even Paper Jam, for Christ's sake, that should be exactly it. And the writing is solid, but then just the actual gameplay is just, bull. Mm. So the first two Paper Mario games are And even, like, the later Paper Mario games you're not into. Exactly. Color Splash, it's so close. What about Faker Star? Again, farther away, but (laughs) kind of close. Um, So the first real episode of the MinMax show will air next Thursday. Uh, it'll have a new intro uh, song, which I'm very excited about. That's one of those things. Like, could this work? And then, hey, it worked. Um, and so we'll we'll debut that. You, you'll know when you hear it. Like, why are they talking so much about their theme music? You just go into free list and you put in whatever. I don't yeah, know. exactly. Uh, in general, uh, so the feedback that's going to come through the post on Patreon. If you're supporting the Patreon uh, at the two dollar tier, which is the the minimum tier. Um, then we'll send out a call for questions, comments, words of wisdom, and stuff like that. So even in the first episode, the not this one, but the next one, yeah, that'll have user submitted questions. Yeah, or like Patreon submitted. Questions. Correct. Yeah. Also, um, if you back Patreon, uh, you get access to the Discord. So a lot of people would always write into the Game Informer show saying like, "Oh, I want to play with the community. Where do I find people to play with?" And I feel mm-hmm. like that will be hopefully a great place for. Uh, what I hope is a great community. Um, I have faith. <laughs> it'll be fun. Um, and so it'll be fun to, you know, instead of like, the um, part of me was just thinking about like, you know, this Patreon overall and how it's going to feel. And it's like, it's kind of going to feel like an extra life marathon, which we do every year and did every year at Game Informer. We're going to do it again this year, but just stretched out throughout the entire year. And instead of raising money for charity, it's just going to be the effort is trying to build this positive, <laughs> uplifting community, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, X-Life hopefully has been good training for what it's going to be like to, to try and run this thing. Um, and in general, like, I had this weird moment, too, where after weeks of setting everything up and just a thousand little jobs and details and just realizing, like, this really isn't that hard. <laughs> like, and it's like... It's, Hey, are you a little using... scared about how easy it is? Like, am I missing something? Of like, just totally jinxed us. Well, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm going right to blow a lot. Yeah, I'm going to blow a lot technically, and on Patreon in particular, because I haven't messed around with that too much. But in terms of just like, it's fun to build something new. It's fun to make a studio in my basement. We're using OBS. It's free software, you know, mm-hmm. for like a lot of this operationally. Yeah, the mics cost the money. The camera <laughs> costs the money. Things cost money. But there's shortcuts around all of this mm-hmm. stuff and like creating something new is just so fun and you know just that weird thing of I had to like ask my neighbors upstairs like hey is it okay if I make this and I'm like yeah and they've been so supportive and so nice it's like I love the idea that I could have not done anything I could have just gotten off and tried to get a different job or something but they the other like oh no you just go out of your comfort zone a little bit and build something and it just snowballs like, it's so satisfying mm-hmm. to create something new so Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. You're welcome to just go off and create your own content. <laughs> I recommend it. There you go. Yeah, new tutorial and I are still looking for jobs. Oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. But we're very excited to be here. Oh, that's so sweet. And again, yeah, uh, thank you so much for watching or listening and supporting, which is something we can now say, patreon.com slash minmax, two ends. 
As everybody knows, uh, the two N stand for? Naughty by nature. Naughty by nature, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, in general, uh, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Min Max. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Cool. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Max Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marquiafava, hey. Kyle Hilliard, hi, and Anna Diaz. Hi. Welcome, welcome. Thank New you. voice to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. Friend of the show, uh, Ava from Glitch. I was talking to her a while ago. And I was like, do you know any voices that you'd recommend for being on the Max Show podcast at some point? And she didn't let me finish the sentence. And she said, on it, get on it, get on it. <laughs> Uh, you're helping out with Glitch in some ways now? Yeah, so I announced yesterday, officially, I am a producer there. Awesome. Yeah. So making some nebulous, maybe podcastable content in yep. the future. Yeah, so it's all unannounced for now, but um, it'll be gaming content, and I'm super stoked to be there. They're a great community, and they love video games. Yeah, yeah. they're so sweet. And so they're the publisher of HyperDot. Friends of the show, HyperDot, yeah. uh, we're supporting this month and stuff. We actually streamed it for the Great Cody Hunt, if you want to find out what it actually looks like. Because God bless the $10 supporters on Patreon that choose what we stream every week. They went with Dark Crystal Age of Resistance <laughs> tactics. It's like, all right, we're doing what we people want. And we tried it for a while, and then Jeff, um, uh, just, he could not survive the Age of Resistance. Really? We didn't I mean, you like that genre, though, right? It, it, it was not. Like we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> you can find on. the archive of Jeff beating his head against the wall. Well, you should have deleted that. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, Anna, also in your history, Twin Cities Geek, which mm-hmm. I follow on Twitter. There's a lot of people in yeah. Twin Cities. It'll bubble up. You wrote for them, but then also Polygon as well. Yep. Yeah, I just finished, or not just now, but... I was there for a summer as an editorial intern, so I was full-time in their newsroom in New York. Yeah. Uh, right, you're not, like, the best person, but you have a favorite person to work with over there? And worst. Yeah, yeah. It's been a full polygon dirt here. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was a really meaningful experience because I got to work with writers whose reporting I've been reading for a long time. So um, it was really great to work with Patricia Hernandez. Um also, shout out to my friends Petrana and Palmer, who yeah are also great young reporters. Yeah, in games and entertainment. Yeah. Awesome. So, what's your history with Minnesota? And it's not a requirement to be on the Minnesota podcast, but it's like it's cool that you have some connection that you came back from here to Minnesota. But did you grow up here? Yeah. So I lived here for six years as a child in Central Minnesota in a town of one thousand two hundred people, which <laughs> called town? Avon. 
Haven. I don't know what I'm sorry. It's most known for the Wobegon Trail. Garrison Keillor, like, based the show off of it. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful place. Okay. Um, and I also have extended family here. I went to college here and just like it generally here. Yeah. So came back. Oh, that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. Well, thanks for swinging by the cold, dark basement. Like, <laughs> it seems okay now. I promise the temperature will plummet in this oh, room. Man. And so, yeah, we're all going to be great. Uh, also, Chrono Trigger. The game club goes on. This is the deepest dive on Chrono Trigger. Jeffum, you are wincing like you haven't uh, gone through the ending at this point. I've been playing every day. Uh, is there a lot to go through still? I don't know. That's the thing. And so uh, that, the third section is pretty uh, bloody. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we tried breaking up into three perfectly evened out sections, and we failed. Well, that's <laughs> fine. So uh, it's going to be on February 12th is we're going to be posting our final discussion of Chrono Trigger, which covers everything in the game from the Kingdom of Zeal through the potentially multiple endings of Chrono Trigger. Um, and on the 10th, and February 10th is when we'll have the post on Patreon saying, hey, please leave your comment with very specific insight there. So if you're playing along with us, please look out for that post on February 10th, and then we'll have that standalone thing. It'll be on the YouTube channel, and then the audio version will be available for $5 supporters as well, the Patreon, um, but it is the deepest dive into Chrono Trigger, and we've been having a good time with it so far. Uh, I can't imagine we'll talk about Chrono Trigger today. <laughs> this well, is <laughs> a special episode uh, <laughs> where we're going to talk about the Super Nintendo. Uh, we're going to run through our top five favorite Super Nintendo games of all time. Jeff, I'm very curious about you because you seem like the most classical gamer in the room. That's the way of just saying old, right? <laughs> yeah, old and boring and uh-huh. stale. Yeah. yeah, I want to see what you choose. We're going to go around the room a little bit and uh, list our five favorites. Other things, though, um, Final Fantasy VII update. I'm familiar with As always, uh, the remake just released that new trailer last week. Uh, I posted a reaction video if you want to see that. You can find it on our YouTube channel and stuff. That trailer is wild. It's like the most they've revealed in a trailer since like the big re-unveiling of the project. The most English voice acting at this point, probably? Probably. And yeah. it still remains like the thing that I'm most concerned about is just some of that dialogue. But, but then there's like moments of, I just, what I love about Seven is just how goofy it can be. You know, and I feel like there are moments in that trailer where it's like, okay, I'm feeling better. Like, seeing Scarlet, like, using somebody else from Shinra as, like, a footstool. It's like, okay, I'm glad that it has, like, some sense of humor and it's not just Advent Children. <laughs> what are they going to do? Cloud, like, I want Silly Fantasy Seven to be packed in there in some way. But And then also that Roach character, like, the new guy on uh, the motorcycle. His line is also good. It's like, I don't know if it's the actor or just his dialogue. But in that trailer, it's like, okay, that guy might have some more personality than, than most. And he's, he's a brand new character? He's brand new. Oh, yeah. Strange thing. Okay. Well, was yeah. that the trailer with Cloud and, like, wearing the dress? Yeah. And, yeah, I only exclusively saw memes in that <laughs> yeah. trailing. Yeah. He's that, very stern. Like, he looks really yeah, weird. He looks like a doll. He just has this, like, blank stare as this guy's like, oh, beauty is on the inside yeah. of the cloud. He just will not have it. It's such a weird thing, too, because it's like, I don't know how they handle that scene. It's basically showing everything now, but they're trying to spin it for being like, oh, gender doesn't matter. It's on the inside. It's beauty. But it's like, the entire part of that scene is like, ha ha, look at him. He's in the dress. And it seems like that's still in effect for the remake. So it's like, very curious if I navigate that. Um, Kyle, you wanted to talk about... The hand, I'm sure. Oh, the classic Square Enix (laughs) death hand. Uh, You want to talk about the mobile game, Kyle? We oh, would not leave sure. this room without talking about a mobile game? Uh, yeah, that thing I specifically told you we could not talk about if we uh, got... But I, um, it's it's just... So it's this free-to-play mobile game, and there's, like, flags that raise immediately where it's, like, you know, it, there's microtransactions, and it's 
free to play and you have to wait to play. There's all these things that are like reasons that you probably don't want to play and it's fine. But it's called Stampede. And what it is, like, I just really like the core mechanic of the game. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Pursuit Force for PSP? No. Okay. It was a launch title for the PSP. And the idea was, like, you would leap from car to car. Like, it was a third-person action game where you would drive and you would get close to a car and then you could leap out of the car to the next car and take that over. It's kind of like your beloved driver, San Francisco, but, like, instead of, like, being a spirit, you're actually a, a human character jumping from car to car. Huh. So the idea of the mobile game is, like, you're running through a stampede and you're riding an animal, and you leap from animal to animal, and, like, as long as you, like, stay on the animal long enough, you can capture it and, like, build out this zoo. And I just, it, I know that you found a zoo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're capturing stampeding. Yeah, yeah, you're capturing animals to, like, grow out the zoo. But, like, the core mechanic, it's a uh-huh. one-handed vertical game, which is, like, all I want from mobile games. is like, you know, simple to play. Right. That mechanic of leaping from animal to animal is, is super fun and very cool, and it's a game that I'm returning to. Uh, and you found this based on IGN giving it a 9.8? That's right. Uh, <laughs> no, my daughter found it, who obsessively plays awful, awful, awful mobile games that I yeah. constantly approve for her, and I'm like, you really want to play this? But this one, she, I watched her play over her shoulder, and I was like, that looks really cool. So that's like the weird way and that I found it. I took the, her phone mm-hmm. away from her and started playing it. So it's called Stampede, and it's like, it's. I was impressed by it, and I like it. When we make our list of 210s of the greatest games of 2020, will you bring up Stampede on iOS? If it, if it clicks in the way Grindstone did for me, I totally would be open for that. That's a tall order, it, isn't it? it? It's not there yet. But I'm okay. just saying I'm open to it. Just because yeah, yeah. it's like a, a free-to-play mobile game doesn't mean it's like out of the running, is out of the stand yeah. if you will. So, okay, check um, it out. with it, Sam. Um, also, big news of the week. Very confusing reveal uh, on Tuesday that Dan Hauser is leaving Rockstar. And I think some of you might be saying, I don't know the name Dan Hauser. That's because Rockstar has a secrecy over the entire thing, and they don't like having public faces out there. But um, one of the founders of Rockstar going through the entire saga, um, incredibly important to the overall design of Rockstar games, specifically the writing. Like, he's been writing on Rockstar games for so long now and has been a huge part of it. It's crazy to have somebody at the top of the company also theoretically being in the weeds and doing so much writing on games up to Red Dead Redemption 2, which I would argue is probably one of the best written games of all time. Yeah, I mean, it it will change things there. Right. For sure. I mean, it might not be, like, immediately apparent, but, like, things are shifting there. Yeah, and it's wild. Like, yeah. uh, so Sam Hauser is his brother, and he's still there. But the way this was revealed was through, what, a financial reveal? It's like, oh, by the way, uh, Dan Hauser, uh, he's been on leave since 2019 on vacation, and now he's going to be leaving for real in yeah. March. And so oh, it's, it's a little bit like the, do you remember the, we need the Benz? When Benzies left a couple years ago, that was also like, okay, it was an extended leave, and then he was kind of pushed out of the company. And oh, the lawsuit, yeah, the whole saga. And so this is one of those things where like, okay, also the extended leave, and then also Dan Hauser of all people is leaving. It's pretty wild. And yeah, is it a retirement? Because he doesn't, I mean, I would speculate that he does not need to work if he doesn't want yeah, to. I cannot imagine. You know? Uh, the founder of that studio. No know. one knows. It's really just that one line of saying like, oh, thanks for his contributions throughout the years. Okay, bye. And, you know, he's not going to do a big exit interview. It would be awesome if he did. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of questions about what it means. I mean, there's also other writers involved, or Rockstar in the years, so it's not a matter of, like, oh, it's going to be 100% a different voice. And I think Rockstar also is such a distinct vibe for the writing of their games. 
depending on what series it is, right, that, like, they have enough to work off of where they, mm-hmm. they can move forward and it won't be night and day. But it is a huge shift for Rockstar overall. So. Yeah. I wonder if there's, like, if Dan sort of is more like the Red Dead guy, you know, like if there's one franchise that he is, like, particularly involved in. Like, that stuff's never clear, you know? Right. Like, what he prefers to be involved in. Or yeah, like, maybe he took the lead on Red Dead and his brother takes the lead on, you know. I think, no, I think Dan is still pretty heavily involved in yeah. GTA. But again, I mean, I know they're both really involved, but, you know, it's kind of like the Coen brothers, right? Like, one does the actor yeah. directing, one does the camera directing. And now one's going to split off and make his own look best. So. Ooh. <laughs> Very exciting. Really? Uh, but, yeah, it's like one of those things with, boy, it'd be nice to know exactly what's going on here. Please do more interviews, Rockstar. Please open up those doors and let us figure out what the hell is going on in there. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you also insisted on talking about Zombie Army 4. <laughs> you really don't want me to talk about things that I'm enjoying. No, no, no. Yeah, how is this Zombie Army 4 game? I'm only hesitant because it's a game called Zombie Army 4. The name sounds like if there was a sitcom where like yeah. a kid was like wanted to play a video game he, and they, it would be called Zombie Army 4 Dead War. You know what I mean? Dead like, War. That's what it's called. Yeah, that's, okay. like, that's the game that Bart Simpson wants to play mm-hmm. that his mom won't let him. But, I mean, it's, it's, so it's from the Sniper Elite guys. It's okay. from that studio. But it is basically like a Left 4 Dead mixed with that sort of sniper gameplay. And I yeah. think it works pretty well. Like, And there's also, it's, it, it distinguishes itself from Left 4 Dead, like A, by being third person. And then also, like, the when you get a certain number of zombie kills, you can, like, rush into the, the crowd and, like, do an up-close kill to regain health. And, like, so it, it like... I like it because it just keeps the action moving as you're sort of trying to make your way through, yeah. you know, these, like, big hordes. And, like, you still get that, like, slow-mo sniper kills and stuff like that, which is, like, the Sniper Elite series is really known for. So how does that work with multiplayer, then? Uh, so th- it'll start, and um, and then, it, like, the game basically pauses for everyone. And and the other players can skip it if they want. Yeah. Which, when I was playing co-op, the person that I was playing with would literally constantly, like, skip it. And I'd be like, come on, man. I want to see my kill. What are you doing? Like, awesome. But I reviewed it for IGN. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's not it, – it doesn't, like – it doesn't feel like it does anything that Left 4 Dead or World War Z, like, hasn't already done. But it does yeah. it well. And, like, the sort of health mechanic, like – makes it unique, and it's, the story is, like, so ridiculous and stupid, like, mm-hmm. they sort of lean into the absurdity of that name, and, like, yeah. the ending was, like, made me laugh to a certain degree, so right. I, I, I enjoyed it. If you like Left 4 Dead, if you like World War Z, like, this is definitely, like, it is a, uh, like, mechanically solid, like, it works well, like, the online works well, the game, I, I did run into a few bugs, but they weren't, like, game-breaking things. Sure. Yeah. So like if you like that genre, like this this game surprised me. Like I, I it was better but than any world. Is it really better than going back and just playing Left 4 Dead? Well, it's different. Yeah. Like the, the sort of like the health mechanics of it and like the focus on sniping does make it feel a little different, which is yeah. cool. And like and the levels are well designed. Like the sort of the path that you have to go through the levels are well done and stuff like that. So like it is, I it is worth playing. Like Left 4 okay. Dead is still great. Left 4 Dead is still the best. And I think I actually would put World War Z slightly above. Army Zombie Army Four Dead War, right? Um, but like it's a total solid entry into that genre. Okay. So cool. I, I would recommend it if you like that that style of game. Because like also the other thing is Valve has pretty explicitly said like recently they're like we're not working on Left. Yeah, we haven't for years. Which yeah, is really interesting. So, so they would just come out and say that. And then mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, what's the Back for Blood? Is that the Turtle Rock one? Yeah, I think yeah. so. So UK was publishing that one. Yeah. yeah. So like until we learn more about that or find out what that is. They said it's a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. Like, yeah. this, these kinds of games, the World Wars, these and the Zombie Army 4, are going to hold you over until that or Valve suddenly 
digs through their source code and says, oh, yeah, we made Left 4 Dead 3. Let's do right. Surfaces there. So last week, I believe it was, uh, Nintendo announced that the Nintendo Switch has surpassed the Super Nintendo in terms of sales, which seems wild. Like, we think of that as being so huge. Just because we were dumb children, Jeff, is that the idea? I think so, yeah. Okay. Mostly yeah. dumb children. Yeah. So uh, the Switch had a total, or sorry, the Super Nintendo had a total sales of 49.1 million, and the Switch is now at 52.48 for the total and still climbing. It's just bonkers. But we figured that combined with the Chrono Trigger deep aside that's going on now is probably a good time to look back at the Super Nintendo. And then, lo and behold, Reggie Fizeme, uh, former Nintendo president, uh, he did like this podcast where he's also kind of talking about the Super Nintendo era a bit. Um, but he's mainly just about like his overall career and business. And it's the present value podcast. But Kyle, you were talking about how fascinating it was. And so I finally yeah. went around and listened to it. Why was that so riveting? I'm not he's even a huge Reggie fan, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> are you guys familiar with this? Honor, did you no. hear about it? Um, I saw it circulating, but okay. I didn't click into it. Yeah. I mean, maybe... Because, like, I was always eager to try to talk to him during my time at Informer. I was never able to. And, like, I like it answered, like, simple questions for me, which was, like, does he actually like video games? Which is a question I always had for him. And, like, one of the, one of the big hard-hitting journalists, Kyle Hill, you're do you like video games? I mean, it's, I, mean I, I know he liked Nintendo, and he was, like, he was very good at his job. But I was always curious, like, in your free time, yeah. do you play video games? And in this interview, he says, which, uh, which was like me, like one of the more interesting things to me. Like when he, uh, when the first system he owned, this was like before he was at, you know, yeah. um, Nintendo, was the Super Nintendo, and he owned 80 to 90 games. This seems absurd. That's what he says. This is yeah. what he says. And then, yeah. like he said, then later I found out that research implied that most people had like an average of what, five to six games yeah, in Super six Nintendo? Six eight, <laughs> I guess yeah. it was an outlier. Yeah. Oh, what? Did I buy too many of your games? Oh, and am I rich? I'm calling BS. I mean, okay. That's a lot. 90 is ridiculous, but like, I do believe in the idea that he had like way more games than the average person. Like maybe like 20 or something. Did like he that, buy you know? those though like five years before he started working for Nintendo? Oh, or, or like right before no. he went into the interview so he could say, hey, the first system I ever no. bought Oh, no. Nintendo, I mean, and I had 90 games. I brought my cartridge footstool with me. Let me just get I'm comfortable not, here. We could all of this can be taken with a grain of salt. But I mean, he's yeah. not like he's not. He, although he does still refer to like Nintendo as we and our developers yeah. in the interview. But like he had, he owned like a like a PS2 and an N64. He skipped the GameCube. Yeah, you know? like he talked about when he was interviewing a Nintendo that he only had an Xbox and a PS2. He did not yeah, have a GameCube, you know, which was like telling to him. You know, like so I like. You could totally look at that and be like, I don't, I don't yeah. know if he was much of a gamer. But I I took it as, like, I think he actually yeah. did play games. But yeah. in the same way that we're dying for more rock star developers to do long-term interviews, I was thinking about, like, why is this so compelling? Like, I've heard plenty of Reggie speeches and read plenty of interviews with him and stuff, but I've never heard him, like, in a relaxed, long-form podcast format. It's like, turns out he is a smart guy, and you just feel like you get to know him so much more from that rhythm. And also, I think... Yeah, you know, the interviewer a little a little stiff. It seemed a little like he definitely had those questions in advance and all that fun stuff. But like it was fascinating just because it made me angry about every other interview with Reggie where it's like, yeah, this interview was good because it was talking about things that he was passionate about, which is branding and marketing, you know, and like and business pizza from and pizza. And he's not about pizza, pizza for a long time. But it's just like it's nice to hear him more in his wheelhouse instead of having yeah. to dodge talking about the virtual console and the switch for the thirtieth time. Yeah. He's actually talking yeah. about like here are my business lessons throughout my career that I'd like to apply and, and teach yeah. you about. So you also found it compelling? Is that it what was. Okay. Yeah, because, for sure. because all you said was, Why was this so compelling to you, Kyle? Oh <laughs> no, I also yeah. it was riveting. Okay. And I think there's something about his tone and I was like, this is fascinating. 
fascinating. And then I really thought about, like, well, what's he saying? He's saying Breath of the Wild really changed up the formula for the Zelda series. It's, he's saying very basic things yeah. most of the time. But, but honestly, another thing, like, because he, he did say more than that about Breath of the Wild. He yeah. talked about the mechanics of it and specifically why it was, like, different for Zelda to the point yeah. where I was like, I mean, these are bullet points on, like, a press release for sure. But, like... At least it made me think, like, he, he understands why that's interesting and probably played it. He said he played every Zelda game, you know. Yeah, that is true. Uh, uh, but yeah, he had a couple interesting stories about how when he was first hired, he wanted to talk to Iwata, and he said that, like, Nintendo Japan was like, what's going on? Like, they were a little bit put off. They're like, who's this weirdo that just was hired over in the American campus that wants to actually talk well, to Iwata? Well, it was actually before he was officially hired. Oh, that's right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, because he was, like, part, they were interviewing him, and he requested to talk to Iwata for... For 30 minutes, yeah, and they talked for an hour and a half. It's beautiful oh, because yeah. you got well because you got to like uh, you know we know how this works. The right? you and Japanese people, you got to get translated. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check it out, I really recommend it. Uh, yeah, if you're a Nintendo fan, I think it's worth listening to. We yeah. talked about like, the evolution of Nintendo logo and how. Uh, when he first was brought on, like, 2002, 2003, that they wanted to shake it up and make it look like graffiti and stuff. And he's like, you idiots. Like, stop trying to court the older audience. Like, we're yeah. smart for making stuff like Brain Age. Like, even like, the development of Brain Age and just trying to court a different audience than where Xbox and PlayStation 2 were going. He also said in one of Nintendo's main conference rooms in Kyoto, there's a plaque with kanji letters that say, make something unique. Yeah. Which is, like, I, it, there, Nintendo is so close off mm-hmm. about any insight of like what their offices look like like that is like in my mind picture of like what's happening in the Nintendo offices like mm-hmm. that's now the only piece that I have like alright there's a plaque in a conference room that says make something yeah. unique it always cracks me up when it sounds um, like he stole it on his way out I think <laughs> that's right they <laughs> pried it off the wall of the crowbar but uh no like it always made me laugh when Nintendo on their YouTube channel they had like they had Nintendo Minute you know Kid Ellis and I forget her name um but they're like, we're going to tour Nintendo's headquarters in Kyoto. And I was like, this is awesome. Then they post the video, and it's just them in the lobby. We're like, if Nintendo can't get access to Nintendo, like, what the hell are we doing here? What chance do we have? Yeah. Um, but it's right. been really nice to sort of see him loosen up after leaving Nintendo. Like, yeah. even he's been attending more events in New York. He was oh, at really? the uh, NYC Games Critics Association Award or the Games Journalism Award. And that's just something that is for journalists and writers and is well attended by kind of like more regular people and he was there and so yeah, been, yeah. he's and, becoming a human being again yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's just loosening up he's like I'm going to talk about marketing yeah now. yeah, yeah. he also did talk a little bit about like the meme culture surrounding him and Although he, he didn't have a description of like it. On the place where you download the memes, there are hundreds <laughs> of me. It's like, hey, <laughs> oh, it go? Um, but it's yeah, you should you should check it out. It's it's, it's like an hour. But it is like yeah. I was surprised. Like it's he worked for VH1 and MTV yeah, and Panda cool. Express and stuff <laughs> like. Anyway, it's called the Present Value yeah. Podcast. You want to go check it out? All right, so our top five Super Nintendo games of all time. This is tough. Look. We're, our lists aren't going to be the same as your list, but I was trying to come from a very honest place. It is not an objective place. These are my personal favorite Super Nintendo games. Right? Are we all coming from the same point of view? Yeah. 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 So we're all allowed to make crucial omissions here. Yeah. With no damage. Zelda's all is allowed to be lower on your list if you want. It's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, so I have a weird history with Super Nintendo, though, where I never owned one. Like, a bulk of the games that I played from Super Nintendo were just when I emulated it on, you know, on my computer in high school. Yeah, I'm in a similar position. I mean, I was born in 95, so I couldn't couldn't have played them all. But 
Um, it's funny, when you originally asked me to do this episode, I was looking at just a general list of Super Nintendo games and had this moment where I realized, wow, I've played so many of these. Yeah. How, how? And it was Game Boy ports, emulators, stuff like that. Yeah. And at Jeff, um, you were hot and heavy with the Super Nintendo? Yep. Okay. <laughs> you were, that was 31 when you bought it? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, that was our first system that we were actually allowed to get. Oh, wow. Because we couldn't get the NES. Did you get it at launch? Uh, n- probably not, no. Because I think we we had rented it multiple times before then. Yeah. You know, which was always like a fun, like, binge weekend. Oh, yeah. Get the system in a couple games and get as far as you could before you had to take it back. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, Kyle, it seems pretty important in your family. Yeah, my first console, too. Uh it was definitely a long-term uh, campaign with my brother and I to break down my parents to convince them to buy us a game console, and that, that was where they, they crossed the line at Super Nintendo. And we got the bundle that included Donkey Kong Country, which had a timestamp when I got it. Yeah. So I wasn't there for the launch. I wasn't – I didn't – I never – maybe we'll talk about it. I never really played Super Mario World, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, that's why um, – but, yeah, I mean – yeah, it's it's important to me. It was my first game console that yeah. I had in my house. I think your brother still has that original yeah, box. I think so. Yeah, he, he does, for sure. His yeah. pillow, I believe. Yeah, yeah. very sentimentally attached to that thing. Uh, okay, so the format is we have five choices. We'll go around the table, five, 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 four, 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 all that stuff. If your choice is brought up earlier, just jump in, have that conversation then. Don't, don't save it for later. All that nonsense. And you insisted that we come up with interesting trivia about about each answer. It's not going to be a pop quiz. I just don't want you. I just don't want you to say Mario World. It's the best because it's Mario World. Okay, moving on. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something new to say. Yeah. And you want us to I put on a character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mario. Oh, Mario World fans. Mario. Uh, okay, number five, Anna. What are you going with? Um, so, for my number five, I'm going with the original Super Nintendo Harvest Moon. Oh. Uh, excellent yeah. choice. So, um, you know, uh, arguably the start of my unhealthy relationship with Stardew Valley and yeah. the Animal Crossing, uh, it's proposed a simple idea at the time, which was an RPG, but make it farming. And that was pretty new at the time. Yeah. And it really paved the way for all these later farm sim games that combined RPG elements. And it also, you know, it's just fun because there are farming simulators, but it also introduced the idea of having stories and characters. You can, you know, start a family. Um, and the story behind it is really cute. The... Uh, Let's see here. The um, Wada? producer, yeah, Wada, yeah. had moved to Tokyo after being brought up in the countryside, and he had no interest in moving back to the countryside, but he wanted to make a game with it. So uh, in an interview with Gamasutra, he talks about, how do you make a game about caring for cows? The deep love that comes with caring for cows. And so, um, yeah, it's crazy to have a game that gets away from conflict as the core. It's like, oh, all yep. you need is progression in the game. Yeah. That's all that game is, is yeah. feeling satisfied going yeah. through. And, like, I looked at that same Gama Sutra interview, and there's a quote later on that made me laugh where Lotto was talking about the first Harvest Moon, and he says, Grand Theft Auto and some points of Harvest Moon are more or less the same, but at the same time, they are different. It's really up to the producer to put what he really wants to in his game. In GTA, you can hijack a car. And so you can try to improve the way you hijack a car, for example. But in Harvest Moon, it's farming. So we try and got to try to get to the same way to improve things. Basically, we have the same base, but the improvement of the message is going to be done in different ways. 
It's a weird way different. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like you're getting yeah. better at the things you're doing, whether it's mm-hmm. killing or farming, and it's going to be satisfying at a, at a game level, yeah. no matter yeah. what it is, right? Yeah. And it's weird that it's a it's a later game. Like, it came out in 1997 in yeah. the States mm-hmm. and then 96 in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was the first, right? That was the first Harvest Moon? That was the first one, yeah, which mm-hmm. I didn't... I played the PlayStation one, Back to Nature, first, and then went back to the Super Nintendo one, but... The Super Nintendo one holds up so well. Yeah. I think even, like, I think the art I still like better than Harvest, or Stardew Valley's art. Yeah, I haven't played any of the later uh, Harvest Moon games, actually, but I've kind of heard similar stories where it isn't, it's just not as good of an experience, but that there also was a lot of um, transitions in the studio at the time, and so I think the later Harvest Moon's, aren't even supposed to really be Harvest Moon. They're just using the name Harvest Moon. It's confusing. Yeah. The story of seasons, yeah. like the real one, that transition is just a mess. And at this point, it's like you're fine with Stardew Valley or going back to the yeah. first Harvest Moon, which I think yeah. is on like Wii U Virtual Console yeah. if you want to yeah. play it there. Yeah, and just getting away from the pixel art, I think, hurts it so much. And I think that's why Stardew Valley was so successful as well. And I think... This would have been on my list if I had played it back for the Super Nintendo. I, yeah. I didn't come to it or find out about it until years later, and I think I played it on an emulator then. But then I did try I liked it, and I, tr- I tried the, like, one of the later PlayStation ones because I thought, this is going to be so much better. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, it, it just looks like crap compared to, like, <laughs> the, how well the old games hold up. Right. It just doesn't have that There's same magic. There's a lot of wonderful life out there for GameCube, yeah. so I guess I'll let it pass. But yeah. you could play the, the Game Boy one. I think it's, like, the third Game Boy Harvest Moon where you can choose for the first time it's going to be a boy or a girl at the start. Mm-hmm. Do you know this weird saga? But then if you choose... To be the guy, you like go on to classic Harvest Moon. You get married. You keep building up your farm. If you choose to be a girl, you start playing the game, and then when you get married, it says congratulations, the end. And oh roll no! You peaked. You've gotten oh, married God. on a farm. Incredible. <laughs> hey, it's lovable. Um, yeah, I love that game, and I played it on the emulator. And then in college, I remember I was so stressed out and so anxious during like freshman year of college. I'm like, I need comfort food. I'm just going to go play to the original Hardest Moon again, like, in my dorm room. And so I have a weird soft spot for that original yeah. game. It's, it's also the weird thing of, it, like, that Simpsons joke of how they wanted to play the video game about mowing the lawn, you know? Yeah. Where it's, it's just yard work. <laughs> and I hate yard work in real life, but it's just so satisfying to, like, build up and, you know, go out and clean out all yeah. the stones and stuff like that. No, and, I agree. And I think it's nice to see games that are based on not just um, fighting and then winning, but then, like, this new kind of game loop cycle where it's about caring for things, and yeah. um, the reward is just different. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jeff, on number five. Uh, number five was a tough one. I went through a couple different things, and this is the personal versus best of list, you know, because uh-huh. if I was doing best of, I probably would have just said Chrono Trigger at this point. I've played enough of it as, as, number one, number five? as my number five. Okay. But um, I didn't play, I never played it for Super Nintendo, so I, yeah. I passed it up. But What's I'm, your favorite DS game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would probably be up there at this point. But I went with Secret Mana. Secret, Secret of Mana. Mana. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, which... Trivia wise, mm-hmm. was designed by Koichi Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, it, it was, 
and my research, by the way, was just Wikipedia. Apologies oh, yeah, okay. that I didn't, you know, do any hard-hitting actual research in like the 16 hours before we filmed this. Um, but there was some interesting stuff about it. Uh, it was originally supposed to be Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. And it heard. Yeah. yeah. And so they, and so Koichi Ishii said that it was kind of an extension of the Final Fantasy battle system that they had up to that point. And then I think you brought this up before that it was codenamed Chrono Trigger yep. while they were yeah. working on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So when it was in development, it was called Chrono Trigger. And the first Nana game is also called Final Fantasy Adventure. That's so, right. Which was yeah. Game Boy? Yeah, yeah. Game Boy. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's so confusing. Yeah, Why? it's so confusing. I, mean, I, I played Secret Man as well back in the day, but there's nothing with time or anything in there, is there? Yeah, I guess it was just the code name at that point. And I, I think they were, <laughs> sweet they were also working on Chrono Trigger at the time. Okay. And so there there was a lot of weird kind of crossover with what so they were working like, on. They were just like, ah, Chrono Trigger, yeah. man, whatever, same thing. But they independently came up with the name Chrono Trigger. Right, right. But then they... The the other interesting aspect of it was it was also supposed to be for the Super Nintendo CD system oh, sure. that they were working on before that fell apart and Sony went on and made their own PlayStation based on what they were working on. But they said uh, in interviews that it was supposed to be much bigger because they were working with the CD. Oh, and they, they turned were, it down. Yeah. yeah, when they were going to shrink it down, and it was supposed to have a much darker tone, apparently. Yeah. But it was supposed to have different routes that you could take and different endings, and so when they crunched it down, it kind of became a more linear experience. How important do you think is your love with Secret Mana connected to the fact of having multiplayer? Like, action RPG experience. Yes. And, and the takeaway from all of this is... I didn't know any of this crap as a kid. I didn't know what role-playing games were at that point. Uh-huh. Like, I hadn't played any RPGs, but when my brother and I found out about it, it was just kind of an action game in the vein of Zelda, which we yeah. had liked so much at that point, but we could play co-op, and that was like the huge thing. You could play it with up to three players, otherwise the AI controls, and you can switch between them at any time. But that kind of switched to a a real-time action where you're moving around your characters and you're actually swinging the sword, even though there's, like, the whole battle system underneath it and right. numbers associated with everything. Like, that was that just blew my mind as a kid because I hadn't played any of the other RPGs that came before it. Yeah, for sure. So that was yeah. a, that made a huge impact for me and my brother. Yeah, and I think just having an action RPG on the screen another time, because, I mean, I came to it after the fact, but diving into the classic RPGs uh, through emulation on my computer, I'm sorry, I'm a pirate. Um, but that was a fun one to come across. I'm like, okay, Secret Man, and people say a lot of good things about it. I should play this. And it's like, oh, this stands out so much. It, it's mm-hmm. so different just having that more action component. So obviously it's going to pop for a lot of people and attract a wider audience because yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one that if I had played when I was young, I think I would have loved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe you didn't. I don't tell you, man. Okay. It was hard to come across uh, cartridges, you know? I don't think I knew anyone that had a copy of it that I could borrow or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Maybe I guess I could have rented it, but... Yeah, yeah. Had to run Earth Engine too. I mean, you can't ignore it. Uh, number five, Kyle. Number five. For me, it was um, it's Earthbound, uh, which was it was it was a toss up for me between Super Mario RPG and Earthbound. Yeah. Uh, I really like Super Mario RPG a lot, but like I Earthbound edges it out, and I think like personally one of the reasons it might is because I've never actually finished Earthbound. 
Like, I, I, so it's like this mysterious thing. Yeah, like I, I got to the end. Like, I got to the end boss. But, like, it's so, it's such a genuinely funny game because it was basically, like, written and directed by, like, a like a, a, a someone who was a writer who was, yeah. like, a game designer. Yeah, Shigi Sato Toei was a copywriter, but also a TV personality, but also a laundry list of various random yeah, like, jobs. Yeah, game designer was just sort of, like, on his list of, yeah. like, random things. But it's like... <laughs> It was. It's such a weird setting for yeah. an RPG because yeah. it's like basically like the United States through yeah. a Japanese lens. Yeah. It's very strange, and it's like genuinely funny, and actually uses game mechanics to tell jokes in a fun way that I hadn't seen at that time. Yeah, and like, yeah, I just, I just, I, I really love it. And it's so charming, and like, I when it came out on Wii U, I bought it and played a bunch of it again, and it's, I, I didn't yeah, finish it. Didn't, yeah, I didn't finish it. But like the, uh, the, the other thing that does, which is like just a small. Like RPG mechanic that I see occasionally, but not as much as in Earthbound, is like that it, it rewards that uh, idea of like getting stronger, and getting stronger, and going back and fighting original enemies, and then and then being so much easier, which is always such like a satisfying thing to do in RPG. Yeah. But if they're weak enough, you, know, you don't even fight them. Like the screen just flashes, and you just get experience, and you move on. And like I just I loved that. Like in terms of just like going back to familiar locations and like like beefing up your your squad and stuff like that. Right. Like just being able to walk up to enemies and not enter that turn based combat scenario and just keep going was is awesome. Yeah. And I, I love it when I see it today. Uh, I'm blown away. You have that name well, on the tip of your I, tongue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um. You don't have my father. I think you're losing my father. Okay. You can tell that yeah. too. Um. So. I wrote about Earthbound for like a year, which is the most Earthbound kind of thing because it's such a it's such a cult following, and the people who love it love it obsessively. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I count myself inside of that um, as, as a part of that. Um, but I wrote about it for a year. What yeah, do you mean? What well, you... I was in college, and they told me I could write about anything, and I was studying political science, and I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I proposed a project on like cultural translation in Earthbound. And they let oh, me do sure. it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I studied the localization of it. Does it? Uh, is there? Do you have any like interesting insight into that? Like, was it like was it drastically different for the United States? Um, Did they have to change a lot? Or well, so you see some pretty common themes that things that are taken out uh, with any game. So removal of certain religious iconography, uh, removal of nudity in the Japanese version of Earthbound in the beginning. You know, when you're woken up by the sirens, you're walking around as Ness. Originally, his sprite is like nude. Oh, and really? It's like a oh. tiny sprite, right? That yeah. You can't see all that much. Wait, but, but don't you like walk outside to explore? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. oh, that makes yeah. Oh, but you put on your clothes and you go outside. You put, oh, okay. you, put, you put your clothes on. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang on. Did, did they model Ness's penis? Or is it just like a generic kind of like Cartman? It's just like a two pixel, you okay. know? Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Like Goku. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a super shrunk down pixelated Goku. Yeah. yeah. Weird. So, do you speak Japanese? No. So, Earthbound, because it has such a cult following and a dedicated following, it's one of the only games where there's been an entire an entire community has formed around localizing it. And this is partially due because of Mother Three, which was never reported to the U.S. And yeah. so that localization was run by fans. The person who led that porting and that localization and translation wrote a book on Earthbound and the localization of Earthbound. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And when they finished that Mother 3 translation, like, they they basically told Nintendo, like, you guys can have this like, yeah. for free. Like, yeah. we don't right. want the game to be out, which is like, yeah. the Nintendo has too much pride to do that. Sure, right yeah. Now. But it's, it's like, like a mess. 
I yeah, I just it's. I mean, we. It's such an internet meme to be like Mother Three, but yeah. like that yeah. game should exist. Like, yeah. I would love yeah. to play it on yeah. something. You know. Yeah. I could see them doing kind of the Star Fox Two maneuver at some point. Yeah. It, uh, in some way of just hey, we'll just release it on. I know it's a GBA game, right? But like, we'll just release it on the Switch Virtual Console in some yeah. way. I would love that. I mean, because they, they, they did Earthbound Beginnings, which I don't yeah. really think was like. Successful, but no. it was, it's also the one that people didn't weren't interested in, in seeing. Like, but clearly, like they wanted to start with the beginning to eventually build up to Mother Three, and like I think if that had sold well, yeah. then we probably would have a localized version of Mother Three. But that was so sad to be like, all right, Earthbound fans, here we go, Earthbound beginnings, let's get this ball rolling. And it was like, eh, not so much. Yeah, not and like then no Nintendo just has the message, they're like, yeah, there's no, there's no profits to be made with Earthbound, yeah. so let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Well, and Earthbound didn't make Nintendo money for a while. It's been re-released uh, for the Wii U, um, for the Game Boy, for a lot of different, like, a lot of different releases, but... What was the Game Boy? Was that just Japan? Right? Or, or maybe... Or the Game Boy? Maybe I... I think it's just Wii U is the only really? other time that it's been re-released. Although, I... I yeah, maybe... I, I should call to say, you on this. No, <laughs> I... It's been so long, even last night when I was brushing up on yeah. the sound knowledge and... Wait, what happens in the game? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, that was, yeah, Wii U. Oh, wait, 3DS. That's the other one. Oh, okay. And I, and yeah. I bought it a third time because I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should finish it. It's I, yeah, I know. I got, I was fighting the final boss, and uh, I just, I don't know, I didn't want it to end, and, you know. It was released in Game Boy Advance. It was, but yeah. just Japan, though, right? Uh, not sure. Okay. Most likely. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's. I, it's it's the thing that sticks out to me is just how funny it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Like it's such yeah. a sweet game. Like you call your dad to like yeah. save, and yeah. it's so right. charming. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's something that's always stood out about Earthbound to me is that it's a really difficult game, and some parts are so so can require a lot of grinding for levels. Yeah. And they're really difficult boss battles, but one thing that I appreciate is how much the game kind of takes care of you after that. Like, the game still feels like being wrapped in a warm blanket, you know? Um, <laughs> like if you're anxious during your fresh, freshman year of college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why it's called Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does balance those elements really nicely. What a weird saga. Do you know um, anything about the name, actually, in that sort of translation idea? Like, why Earthman? They just wanted to lean into the alien side of it, I guess? Independence Day was hot at the time? Oh. Yeah, um, I actually don't remember the, yeah, the story behind localizing the name specifically. Yeah. Uh, other than that they thought that it wouldn't appeal to yeah. a Western audience. They, It's funny because it's about America, but it was sort of brushed off as being kind of strange and odd. And so it is. And <laughs> also, yeah, it was that I don't know if all this stuff is out there yet, but I know when Frank Cifaldi was digging through like the Game Informer archives, he found like all the original PR and marketing that Nintendo yeah. did for for Earthbound, and it's a nightmare because yeah. they have like the press release of like Earthbound, check yeah. it out, and their description. Yeah. Do you remember any of these details? Yeah, so is it out there? Their PR is bonkers. Earthbound PR. They um so included with the game was like a. A scratch and sniff yeah, that was thicker, really right? yeah. like smelled really bad. And in the PR article, there's this giant title. I just see it in my head. There's a pile of goop, which is, by the way, an enemy that you can fight in the game. And at the top, it says in all capital letters, "This game stinks." Um, so <laughs> you know, and when that's your lead, Fun. yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. So they spend paragraphs describing Earthbound. Never just call it an RPG. It's like maybe they had the message at the time that RPGs don't sell. I don't know why Nintendo would have it. Like me, who. Yeah, maybe. Maybe no that's the idea, right? Yeah. And so they just yeah. go out of their way to be like, it's a 
wacky cosmic yeah. grinder or just like these horrible yeah. ways of describing yeah. like just say it's a funny RPG yeah. and then yeah and then the strategy guide was included with it because mm-hmm. it was so hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> which was one of the cool things about the Wii U version which is like they, they actually did put a little weight behind that Wii U release you know because mm-hmm. like they knew it would generate excitement for Mother 3 but like the, the cool thing about that was like you could you know play on the Wii U have it on your TV and then you could actually there was like a link in game not in game but you could open up the Wii U menu to open the strategy guide oh really yeah. that like came yeah. with the original game and like on the Wii U browser on the game yeah, yeah, which yeah. I thought was like really neat and cool and it's like one of those things that's like the Wii U did a couple of those really neat things that like ultimately not a lot of people took advantage of yeah. because no one knew what to do with the Wii U that is just the Wii U yeah yeah, yeah so uh, yeah Earthbound's great and like uh, it's I, I I really do genuinely hope that Mother Three comes out in some shape or form somehow. Even if yeah, I, yeah, Switch would be ideal. But yeah. Yeah. you remember how you found Earthbound, Anna? Um, so I grew up moving a lot, and I was living overseas for a while as like an angsty teen, and would just sort of cling to any media that sort of reminded me of home. And I found <laughs> Earthbound the one day. And, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. The Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, the Blues Brothers, the Beatles. Well, that's the other funny thing. It's, it homogenizes, like, a lot of America and also the U.K. What is what? Who knows? <laughs> Just overseas. Yeah. Not Japan. It's all the same. Yeah. yeah. But my main entry was through Smash Bros. I saw NES. I loved playing as NES and yeah. Smash and just wanted to know like, what game this character came from. Yeah, that was totally the confusing thing. I remember first playing Smash Bros. in 64 and thinking, like, oh, that must just be, like, a personification of the original Nintendo console, and they just call it NES and then put an extra S, which I'm yeah. sure there's some connection there, obviously, but still, I was like, mm-hmm. I had no idea that this game even existed. That's why Smash Bros. was so great. Yeah. I've never heard of Fire Emblem? Apparently it's an oh. actual game outside oh, of really? the Smash Bros. characters. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Um, speaking of Smash Brothers, it's a matter of time until this is announced, but, uh, hey, never mind. <laughs> Evo, is that what you're trying to pull in? <laughs> you right? What are you doing? No, I'm trying to make a stretch that's not working. My <laughs> number five, what I'm trying to say, <laughs> is a game called Evo Search for Eden. Okay. Have you guys played Evo no. Search for I've Eden? I've heard you talk about it before, but. I yeah. love it. It is basically 2D Spore. Uh, it's Spore before Spore. Uh, it's Enix published it. It was developed by a company called Givro Corporation. We all know them. We all love them. But it's, at its core, it's an action RPG where it's all from the side and it's like Spore because you're going through billions of years. So you start out like as a fish attacking other fish. Then you get experience points because of that. Then you can go and upgrade yourself and give yourself like, okay, now I'm a fish but I'm going to have a pointy horn nose. Or now a fish but I have faster fins so I can attack faster and stuff like that and you can just customize and like build out these characters as you're choosing your evolutionary path then eventually you work through like five areas or eras I should say so you work out uh, through the ocean and then early creatures of land then age of dinosaurs then the ice age and then early man Hmm. and it's like it has some hokey story about like oh you're the daughter of Gaia some nonsense like that but really it's just like a cool design for a game to have like an action RPG on Super Nintendo where you got to just create these abominations, <laughs> just these weird looking dinosaur creations. And it totally is grindy to try and blast through it, but it's a really unique game. And 
I loved it. And also, I think it's pretty expensive to get. Do you think it would ever come to the Super, like the, I don't know, what, what do they call it for the, on the Switch, where they keep it? That would be awesome. Like, but do you think it's pretty popular, popular enough or known enough? Or, or I don't I think so. Never heard I, yeah, I'm not yeah. familiar with it. We didn't yeah. have it in the Game Informer Vault. I always want to do a replay or Super Replay of Evo Search for Eden. Did you like it so much because of the Animorphs? Mm. Mm, probably. That was yeah. probably a factor, yeah. It was definitely one of those games where it's like going through so many ROMs in the MMA. like, Evo, I guess I'll check this out. It's like, wait, what is this? This is a weird hook. Let's see how far this goes. And I just remember sitting in my friend's basement bedroom just blasting through that entire game. It took forever, but it's super fun. But it's a weird one. Evo Search for Eden. Uh, number four, Anna. All right. So for four, I had Secret of Mana. So oh, perfect. We already talked about that. Yeah, love yeah. it. Jeff, number four. Uh, number four is Super Mario Kart. Oh, tell us about this game. But first, tell us about your experience with it. Um, I think I've talked about my experience. Like, the biggest thing was that my brother and I, it was another one that my brother and I played a ton of. And so... This goes back into kind of the history of it. It came out after F-Zero because F-Zero was a launch game, but F-Zero was only a single-player game. Yeah. So Nintendo said specifically that they wanted to try and make a game that was focused on multiplayer while, I guess, still, like, using Mode 7 technology, which was such a big and important thing. Um, and But so it was, like, the go-to multiplayer game for my brother and I again. And yeah. it was... I, had told the experience before, but it was the the game that made me cry because Princess Peach would always pass me right at the end of the finish line because my brother was so much better that the AI would rubber band to him. Instead. Oh, he was always Peach. Yes. No. 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 He was he was always in first place, but oh. he was so far ahead of me that Peach would come and try and catch up with him, like while I was struggling to stay number <laughs> you know second place. And passing until one day. And this was like, I had a breakdown and I cried about it. <laughs> I cried about Princess Peach, yeah. Uh, but it was... Um, breakdown. Yeah. Do you still harbor resentment for her? Or are you guys good? No. No. Uh, we, we got over it. Yeah. But it was Three long sessions of Super Princess Peach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was... And apparently it wasn't... It didn't start as a Mario game. They It was months into development. They wanted to make kind of a kart racing game. And yeah. they tried putting in Mario, and it turns out that was a good idea. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, the Smash Brothers trick. Yeah, but that was also kind of a jumping-off point for using, like, the cast of Mario characters. Like, you know, there had been, like, Dr. Mario and stuff like that, but that was kind of where they figured out that you could treat the entire series of characters as a cast and put them in other kind of experiences right. which they had done with a billion other sports games. And then it was also notable because it started the kart racing genre, right? Yeah, that is a weird idea. Wh- which And the formula remains so similar for so many games where it's like, yeah, know, it's, it's not just like the less realistic racing, but you also have to have, you know, power-ups out there yeah. that you get that you can then attack other people with and... But all of that was, people say, you know, like, it's it's a harder one to go back to in terms of Super Nintendo games. I found that for sure. Yeah, yeah. my yeah. daughter can also confirm that. Yeah. She was <laughs> offended by that one. She loved Mario Kart 8, and mm-hmm. I showed yeah. that, and I was like, that's what it used to look like. And she was like, yeah. can we play something different? <laughs> uh, I'd rather play a dumb stampede game. <laughs> a good, <laughs> fun stampede. <laughs> You're right. I, I still do enjoy it, though. Uh, I went back not too long ago and tried it, and it... Most of it's nostalgia at this point, but oh, yeah. I, I just 
very much appreciated the racing games. I also always liked the battle mode, which yeah seems to have become less important to the series. Well, it wasn't in the Wii U release, but then for the Switch re-release, that's how that worked out, right? They, yeah. they went and added that back then. Do people actually like it still? Or? I like it. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know the numbers on that. The importance is declined, for sure. I mean, they didn't even mm-hmm. include it at a certain yeah. point, but it, yeah. yeah, it was... Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's a good question. I don't well, people like and it. I think the new battle mode's hard because there are just so many different ways to battle now that I would go mm-hmm. in and, yeah, I'd get confused um, rather than just having, you know, three balloons. Yeah, and there's oh, coins. Oh, and Wait, there's jail in yeah. Mario Kart? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're, like, on a team and you got thrown in jail and you got to wait for someone to leave. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. And let's go hearing about how well Mario Kart ate the Lexus going on Switch. I guess one of the best-selling yeah. games and, and in the system. That's also kind of one of my takeaways of, like, that is such a huge franchise and it has been so good for Nintendo over the years, you know? Yeah. That I think people sometimes... Everyone always thinks Zelda, Mario, you know, Metroid. Forget that. Yeah. Mario Kart, I think, I mean, number one, like, pretty easily, right, in terms of, like, Switch sales and stuff? Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Overall, the Mario Kart series has sold over 138 million copies. That's across everything. Yeah. Yeah. Super Mario Kart, the original, sold 8.76 on that console. It's just, it's a crowd pleaser. No one's going to say that about Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, And we all know the best Mario Kart is... Eight. Yeah, probably eight. <laughs> I wanted to say yeah. double dash. I was like, yeah, it's got everything you need in eight. Uh, number four. Kyle. Number four. I thought I told my phone enough now. Okay, so this, it might maybe be surprising that I have The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past at number four. That is yeah. messed up. So I think you broke you your blew list. You blew it. Uh, so, for, like, you know, personal perspective on this game, my first Zelda was Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And I adored Ocarina of Time. It's like... It, set me on this path to want to, like, write about games and love video games. And, and then it was like, oh, okay, I got to go back and see where this came from. So I actually played Ocarina and Majora's first and then went back and played Link to the Past. Now, the first time I played it and completed it was on um, Game Boy Advance. Oh, wow. Okay, um, yeah. So, like, I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for it because it was mostly, like, it, it almost felt like like required reading to me. Like, I really love Ocarina of Time. Like, a great setup. I want to learn what this is about. And, like, yeah. I, it's a great game, and I really love it, and it's so well-designed, and, like, even that opening where you're walking out of the house and it's raining, like, you know, I, I came to it later, yeah. but even that would like, was looked amazing. And I was like, well, this is a Super Nintendo game? This looks incredible, you know? And then just getting deeper into it and, like, the alternate worlds and, like, turning into a bunny, like, all this stuff, like, was not spoiled for me. And I, I, I really I really love it, but I just, the reason it's at number four for me is just because of, like, Personally, it's I don't have the nostalgia for it as much as I just played it and just appreciated it and had a good time with it as like a really well designed game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we uh, at E3 last year we interviewed Tezuka. Um, we did like a rapid fire interview with him about Super Mario Maker 2, also a little about Link's Awakening, a little bit Link, about Link of the Past there. And he, it was really weird. I couldn't find it anywhere online, but he was saying that he took over the direction of that game like halfway through its development that originally had a different director mm. that was... Which I guess kicked out the project where it's like it could have been Miyamoto. It's all very yeah. nebulous. But that I don't was think the first I'd heard of that for Zelda. Like, I think Ocarina of Time went through that as well. Oh, really? Just where, switching like, directors? Like, I don't think Onuma is credited as the director on Ocarina of Time because he came in kind of late and sort of... I like, thought he just designed like the Water Temple and stuff. But no, yeah, I, I think, think he, he did more than that. But I think, okay. yeah, like when... Yeah, but the Water Temple, they, people do credit to him, just almost as, like, a, a joke, you know? <laughs> nice slap of the face. Yeah, but anyways, kind of, yeah, Link to the Past. I mean, Jefflin, what's your experience with that thing? Uh, it's my number one of game. Of course on it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Spoiling it, man. Uh, 
Yes, it, uh, that was that was one game where we didn't own it for a long time, but we had rented it multiple times, mm-hmm. and so it was also kind. Of, there's the nostalgia there for it, but also kind of this mystique around it of like because we had never beaten it, right? And and of course you had to restart every time you rented it again. So yeah, but it was yeah. It's just in terms of that was the first game where it was like. Holy crap! This feels like an actual world that I'm going into, and yeah, and I I feel like one of the notes that I made or the interesting things that I came along was that it didn't sell as well, you know, compared to previous uh, games in the series. Like oh, the really? Original, you didn't sell the two? The original one sold 6.5 million. This one sold 4.6 million. Zelda 2 sold like 4.4 million. Okay. 4. So it barely did better than Zelda 2. But this just, and there were a lot of elements in those old games that actually, you know, were, they they established first. But this one just, because of the better technology and everything, it just felt like this is a world I'm being in, immersed in. Like yeah. this is a story that I care about, even though there's not that much story to it. But then you go to the different locations that all feel so unique in the different dungeons and you come across, you know, like Kiki the Monkey, which was... And it, it, those are just such potent memories that I, yeah. I think that all comes from kind of the upgraded visuals and, yeah. and the extra stuff. That and the music, of course. Yeah, of course. Really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it is, like, number one nostalgic comfort food for you, Jeffrey? Like, if I had to melt you into your childhood and, like, it, put one game on the TV, it would be there was a the game, best. yes, that I could go back to at any point, I think it would be that one, yes. How old do you remember it? Did you have to look at a walkthrough at all? Did you blast it through it? Um, I, I probably should, but it's it's also the kind of game where I wouldn't mind just being lost for a while and having to try and figure out again where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, and stuff yeah. Like it's that. just pleasant to exist there. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. I played it on Game Boy Advance as well in college, and I remember like, did you complete it? For the time? I did, didn't. No? Okay. No, and I'm very stupid. I remember every time I would get stuck, it's like, okay, I'm not going to look at a walkthrough. There's this guy in my video production class. I'm just going to ask him because he's a huge Zelda fan. It'll see if he can give me some vague hints to kind of lead me in the right direction for yeah. the past. You don't have to go too far to find, like, an expert on yeah. the past. That's true. You, know, yeah. like, you just yell out the window, yeah, I yeah. think, and probably have it covered. I was seven years old when I first started that game, and I would ask my mom all the time, like, can I call my cousin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck again, like, the fifth time that yeah. week. <laughs> the other crazy thing to think about, too, is uh, – when I was looking through the research and stuff, is that game is a megabyte. Oh, really? Yes. It is one megabyte. I think we can all agree, best megabyte ever. Well, there's the villain from Reboot. You know what? Okay, it's like top three <laughs> megabytes. Yeah, I do. I also think, like, it is it is top to go back to Zelda 1 and Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. But I think Link to the Past you can go back to, and it, it still feels good. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, moving around still feels good. And, and it, yeah, in, in terms of that thing of it, of something being homework, you know, like right. the original Zelda is such a slog that no one actually wants to play that unless you just cork. I guess. We did the Super Replay back at Game Informer, and that was the first time seeing through the entire game. and. Good God, that was a slog. <laughs> we had to come up with bizarre detective dinner to yeah. yeah. But, again, it might just be my own personal nostalgia, but every time I go back to it, it's like, man, this is just amazing. It's yeah. such a nice experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my number four is Metal Warriors. Mm. It's from the same team that made, like, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah, that's a game. I think it's probably more popular. You're asking me? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, so it's developed by LucasArts. Um, eventually published by Konami, but there's a weird saga where it was going to be published by Nintendo and actually packed in with the Super Nintendo, which 
completely would have changed the fate of my beloved metal warriors. Uh, but could have been the Wii Sports. It really could have been, yeah. So side perspective, you control a robot, marching around, shooting enemies, got cool cutscenes and stuff for the single player. But then the part that I love is it's like a little bit uh, Blaster Master where you can like get out and it is so sad. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for any game where you're piloting a giant mech and you can jump out and get into another mech. And like these aren't just like the standard, even like Titanfall designs of mechs. Like they have different styles, but then they have like, okay, this mech is just a sphere. This mech is a spider. It can climb on walls. And so you're like exploring these levels and finding different mechs. And when, when one gets too damaged, then you pop out. And when you're the pilot, you have a jetpack and just like this little pistol. And so you're just like trying to hang on because you're just, you know, you're going to shatter if anything hits you trying to get into the next mech. But the start of the show, when I found this game was the multiplayer. Uh, where it has split-screen multiplayer, and it was so much fun. It's so much cooperative or competitive? Competitive. Mm. Yeah, so it's like, all right, you start out, you're in mechs, you can damage each other, you can then get out, try and fly to a different mech. So it's like part scavenging to try and find the coolest mech while also just a, a cool way to battle your friends. But uh, it was also, I learned not too long ago, that it was originally called Battle Droids, and they had to get George Lucas's permission because they wanted to use... The word droids, even though it wasn't a licensed Star Wars game, but then uh, it will land on Metal Warriors. And then apparently Nintendo didn't want to publish it because it was too close to the game Cybernator. They said, ah, it looks too much like Cybernator, so we don't want to go near it. But I don't think Cybernator had a multiplayer aspect. So it's completely different. Completely <laughs> different. And it sounds like a Titanfall like uh, predecessor. Right? Yeah, I like, talked, actually, yeah, it's a weird thing because I talked to them about it on the Titanfall cover story trip because Joel Emsley, like the art director, he had a weird connection to it where, oh, I'm trying to remember, like, the art director that he learned from in the industry was the art director on Metal Warriors. Hmm. So there is, like, a weird lineage if you want to cross the path, uh, go back up the path all the way up from Titanfall to Metal Warriors. Not like it was a direct inspiration. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, there's a, a dev connection there, which is weird. Hmm. Anyways, Metal Warriors, I love it. Still fun. Um, number three, Anna? Let's see here. Uh, so... For my number three, I have Donkey Kong Country 2. Donkey Kong Country 2? Yeah. So I really like this game because, well, one, it's like a lot of these SNES games. I played it um, on the Game Boy, and the yeah. first time I ever played it was in the dentist's office. Oh, no. Um, but I kept, you know, I was in the dentist's office, and every, you know, six months or so, I'd play it. And then finally asked my mom, like, can I get this game? Um, and so I really like this one. Obviously, the soundtrack is incredible. I mean, um, is it, in my mind, it's the best Donkey Kong Country soundtrack? Maybe people might say it's mm-hmm. Tropical Freeze right now, but do you think, do I you think, like it more than the first one's yeah, soundtrack? Uh, I know the first one's still my favorite. Yeah, but two is really good. It has the, uh, with Bramble... Yeah, it has the Bramble Blast. Yeah. I don't know. It's been it remixed also, so many times. Yeah, and yeah. it also man that the title screen music. Yeah, is so good. Yeah, just that like da 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 Yeah, I remember that. I love that. Yeah, it's the hook theme, but I still love it. I remember I asked David Wise about that, the composer about the connections to hook, and he's like, oh no no, it's not connected to hook in any way. It's just there's a certain type of music that he was drawing from, just old adventure. But like Pirate-y. the fact yeah. that the game came out like a couple of years after Hook came out, you listen to that title thing. There's no way it is not directly. <laughs> yeah. it. But I remember loving like the Game Boy version with Donkey Kong Land yeah. too. But I remember my friend had it, 
and I would just sit on that title theme with the Game Boy up to yeah. my ear, listening to it over and over again. Because <laughs> then box over your shoulder, and then I would march around town. Yeah, the coolest guy <laughs> around, talking about this kind of sounds like the Hook soundtrack. You guys, listen to this. Hold up there, I love Dixie Kong too. Yeah. Just like mechanically, yeah. like just being able to float. I yeah. mean, that game is super hard compared yeah. to the first one, but her. In particular, like made it much more manageable, and I also I love that she showed back up in Tropical Freeze, and it's like she's the lead character in Donkey Kong Country Three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that was another thing that drew me to it was I was playing all these games, and it was fun to finally get to play as Dixie Kong. And I also sort of liked this larger story of the little guy going to rescue the big guy this yeah. time. Yeah, I remember there was one of those like mind blowing moments on the internet when people realized, wait, it was called. Diddy's Conquest? <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like the wordplay I feel like was slowly seeping in for decades for people before they realized like, oh, that's a clever name. Now this, this might be a little bit of a, a spoiler for Donkey Kong Country, yeah. but do you, can you remember have... King K. Rool's final boss form? Because in the third one, he's he's like a no. scientist. Because like in Smash Brothers, as King K. Rool, all his special abilities like emulate his final boss modes from DKC 1, 2, and 3. Oh, weird. So like the forward, you know, attack is like his is Donkey Kong Country 2 canon, I think. And then, like, his third jump is the, the helicopter backpack from Donkey Kong Country 3. I don't, I don't remember what DKC2 was. Because, I mean, I, that's, I love that series, but I only played the second one through once. Because I think it's the hardest of all three. Oh, of really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a lot of mileage out of that game just because it was so hard. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It, yeah, it was one of those ones that, like, I came to later again. You know, like, play a lot of Donkey Kong Country 1 and 3 randomly. But 2, I, I think I was, like, in high school when uh, my sister gave it to me as a gift. Like, she tracked it down at a flea market. And, uh, and it took me forever to play through it. Like, it took, even even as, like, you know, a, a better gamer at the time, like, not being a child necessarily, like, it was still brutal to get through that. Oh, yeah. 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 Awesome. Jeff, number three. Uh, number three is Super Mario World because it's Super Mario World. <laughs> Mario's in it. He's got a cave. You know, and, and this is one that, it's hard because whenever we had the, the, Super Mario ranking arguments at GI. It yeah. seemed like Super Mario Brothers 3 always won out for some reason. And probably because it's like an older crowd, right? Yeah. I, I think at some point we may have flipped the room, but it, it seems like your love of Super Nintendo kind of stopped depending on how old you were when you played them. Yeah. If you were old enough to remember Super Mario Brothers 3 when it came out in its heyday, mm-hmm. like that cemented it as the pinnacle game, but I was I was not. I did not have that nostalgia for it, and so all that nostalgia dumped into Super Mario World for me. But it, but that's another case of the added technology and moving up to 16-bit graphics, I think, just fleshed out that world and the ideas, the themes for each of the different areas so much better for me that even now, like, when I think back to Super Mario Brothers 3... There aren't a lot of, like, I can't think of a lot of different individual levels in from Super Mario Brothers 3 that they don't stand out to me in the same way when I think about Super Mario World. That's interesting. Maybe, yeah, more of a variety in levels in World, but I still, maybe this is odd, but having not played either of those games as a kid, like, mm-hmm. I love the art in Mario 3 still so much more. Just, like, the color palette is so bizarre, so even if it's not enough variety in the levels doesn't pop. I just like the look of that game still. I think it holds up in a really weird, abstracty kind of way. But do you remember playing Mario World for the first time? Was that like the game you got with the Super Nintendo then? Yeah. And we had rented it multiple times before then. I Actually, I remember I was supposed to... I had... 
we would go on skiing trips sometimes during the weekend, oh, but we had God. rented a Super Nintendo that weekend, and so I super didn't want to go skiing because <laughs> I wanted to stay home and play Super Mario World. Yeah, of uh, course. But yeah, that that was you know just another go-to that we played so much of as kids, and I couldn't come up with any interesting trivia yeah, for that one. No, but there the interesting. Trivia attached to it is that Miyamoto wanted to make Yoshi much earlier than Super Mario World. Yeah. Which he, there was Yoshi's Cookie that came out at some point. Yeah, for that. On the NES, which was free. Yeah, but apparently it was an idea that he wanted and toyed around with for a while. And, it, and apparently there were, he made a game called Devil World. Yeah, much earlier, game. yes. And that that was the one thing that I didn't know. So I was I was reading about it, and I went through Devil World and looked at the picture of this small green dragon, and I was like, okay, I can kind of see that. And then I started reading the description of it, which is like, Tadagon or whatever his name is goes around these levels, and he has to collect crosses and Bibles in order to fight the the devil yeah, who, who dances at the top of the screen the entire game. And they were like, <laughs> so I say, couldn't come out in America. There was no way in hell it was coming out in America. But then, so then when I looked up video, because I thought, this game is bonkers. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's totally just a Pac-Man. And it's so sad to see, well, I don't know about sad, but it's like somebody as brilliant as Miyamoto is just like recognizing, God, I missed the boat on Pac-Man. That's clearly mm-hmm. a brilliant design. I'm just going to do it, but I'll do a weird Christian version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it never comes out in America. That's right. Only yeah. for your fans. That's right. Sweet. Uh, excellent choice. Uh, Kyle, not much love for Super Mario World. No, I, I, I sort of missed a boat on that one because I got my Super Nintendo late. Yeah. It's not one I ever owned. It's not one I... Have you gone back and played Zero? Yeah, a little bit. A um, little bit? Yeah. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I I own it on Wii U, and then on the SNES Classic, I sat down and, and played it a bit. You know, I've given it a shot, like a genuine shot. But you've never made it through credits? No, it just it's not, it doesn't click with me, like, for whatever reason. I'm kind of in the same boat, yeah. where I eventually, right around the same time, I finally played through Mario 3, also played through Mario World, um, and playing it as an adult, like, yeah, at a fine time, it's a little tougher than I than I expected yeah. going through it. I don't know how many levels I could, <laughs> I could list or even talk about it now. Jeff, here's a weird question. Do you um do you like ghost houses? Yeah, I like the ones in Super Mario World. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. It's like it's a thrill whenever you encounter them. I just I think it's a little puzzled every time I encounter a ghost house in any Mario game. I was like, oh gosh, as you said, you're very stupid. I'm incredibly stupid. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, great choice. Hey, Mario World. Great choice. There it is, yeah. Kyle. Uh, my number. We're on three, right? Yeah. My number three is basically my Mario World. You know, it's uh, Donkey Kong Country One. Oh, sure. Because uh, that was, like, my... That was... I got the Super Nintendo, as we talked about, with Donkey Kong 3 packed in. And, like, that was... Like, you know, playing NES so much at friends' houses and dabbling with Super Nintendo, and then seeing that game, I was like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. Yeah. Like, this looks like the future of video games. And uh, I just... I, I The platforming is fantastic. I love the soundtrack. It may... It might be, like, my favorite video game soundtrack, period. Really? Yeah. Like, we always joke about, like, David Wise versus Grant Kirkhope and, like, which ones were... Fans yeah. of, and I like. I just legally you can't say that the podcast oh, was made by Greg Kirkland, so you can't reveal your answer. You bleep this out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, that game like it's like just as like Jeff was describing with uh Mario and like Harvest Moon and everything. It's just like that playing that game is just like comfort food for me. Right. Like, when the SNES Classic came out, I sat down over the course of like two hours one afternoon just played through it because it was just like I just love this game and it makes me so happy. Yeah, and um, and like I love too. And then, but like one, it, like the sort of favorite order would be like one, three, then two. Um, 
Yeah, I just I just really love that game. Did you get the VHS in the mail about the making of? I, you know, I don't think so, but I've gone back and watched it like on YouTube. The reason I paused is because I've got I got some of those VHSs. Oh, I really? got like the Mario sixty four one. Oh, I should watch the other ones because yeah. for some reason I never I never owned a Nintendo console until GameCube. Um, I don't know what. I don't know what triggered it. Yeah, yeah I, I was, I I was a Nintendo inter- Power subscriber. Okay, I was not. Somehow, yeah. they somehow got the VHS of the making of Donkey Kong Country knew into my kid. mailbox. Yeah, it's like this kid's <laughs> going to want to make a lot of videos about making video games at yeah. some point. Uh, I watched that so much. Yeah. And I don't know in what universe I would watch that and then not, like, beg my parents for a Super Nintendo. Did you, play, was, did you ever play that game? Or did you ever no. Go back to it I, I eventually played the second one then on Game Boy. My friends oh, played okay. and stuff, you know, but that was really my only connection to it. Did you play the first one at all, Anna? No, I didn't. No? Just yeah. get the two? Yeah, well, it was just sort of based on the Game Boy and yeah. what I had played. And that was my first Donkey Kong um, game, period. And yeah. so it was the first time I experienced that platforming. Um, so I just figured, well, I'd go with two. Yeah, no, you get it. Sure. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. I mean, like, just the diversity of levels in that is, like, is crazy. Like, yeah. you, you start in the jungle and make your way through the mountains, and there's these, like, crystal caves with this, like, eerie soundtrack, and they're, like, scary levels. And, like, even, like, there's a couple levels where you play through factories that are, like, polluting areas of the island and stuff like that. Yeah. I just, like, it felt like a, a fully realized world to me in a strange way. I Yeah. And then, of course, we all watched the TV show. And we're just oh, like we can reach out and touch them. They're so real. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 do, I do remember the the graphics being so groundbreaking when that game came out. And I think we had been playing it at like Thanksgiving when it first came out. So we had a lot of relatives over. And I remember two of my older cousins had come in and they were so one. The younger one was so amazed. He was like, "You gotta check this out. You gotta see these gla- these graphics." And he, my older cousin had to go and borrow someone's glasses because he forgot his glasses. Oh, so my was, like, God. Looking at it, like, right up against the city. Did he break like, the glasses when his eyes actually yeah. punch through that, the glass? Yeah. Like, and like Donkey Kong's do. Right? He's yeah. been blind ever since. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was just such a, you know, like, technological leap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. My number three is Harvest Moon. Anna, number two. There you go. My number two um, is Link to the Past. Oh, oh there we go. Now yeah. we're flying. Now we're so you, that's the one that you played on Game Boy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I played that on Game Boy. And it's funny because I actually do have quite a bit of nostalgia for it, even because it was, like, my third Game Boy game. Mm. Well, that's confusing. Yeah, just think about, like, those re-releases. It's like mm-hmm. how I'm nostalgic for the special edition of Star Wars. Because, like, oh, yeah, I saw that in theaters when I was 10. Like, of course, that's the same impact, just a different generation yeah. release, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Weird. Uh, number two? Number two is Super Metroid. There it is. Oh, I had to say Thank you for being our classic guy, Jeff. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's a good. good video game. Yes. <laughs> it's notable for its Metroid-style level design. It came out three years before Symphony of the Night, which yeah. is why everyone... Oh, it's everyone, three? Yeah. Oh, wow. I totally understand why that got certain people in the Game Informer office much more than it does me. Uh-huh. But, yes, it was just Metroid clearly established that yes. much earlier, and I don't know why we call it Metroidvania. What is your experience with Super Metroid? Do you remember picking up for the first time? Yeah. Uh, that was that was one that we actually had as opposed to Link, Link to the Past yeah. for a long time. And it, it took me... 
a long time before I actually beat it, but that was the first game, speaking of crying because of Princess Peach earlier, that was the first game I cried at because of a story like moment. Really? Yeah. The ending where the baby Metroid comes out and saves you, sacrificing himself. It was the baby Yoda had me, Yeah, had me crying. And that was that was one of the first games where I ended up being better at it or just playing it more than my brother did. And so, like, I never... Most of the games my I would watch my brother, you know, play through, like, the harder things. That was one where I was actually got to the end myself and was playing through it by myself. And the finale of that game is still just like blows me away and makes yeah. me shake every time I'm playing it because it, it is so intense. And, yeah. like, and I, at that point I didn't understand, you know, that it's a scripted moment where the, where mother brain beats you, you know? And so I was just like, why am I losing all my health? I can't believe this. And oh, then no. the Metroid saves you and I cried. And then I had to actually fight, you know, the final form. And then you have to actually work your way out of it as yeah, the time cool. is ticking down. Which was, is also in the beginning of the game, right? So it's like this weird full circle thing. I think so. Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's like a Metroid thing at this point, right? Having a timer where you have to get out of there. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. so my experience with Metroid is I, I EGM, called it the greatest game of all time. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I have to play this. And I was, I was like, uh, high school at that point. And then, like, I found a physical copy. And it was, like, it was expensive. But, like, I, I bought it because I was like, I, I, this is the greatest game of all time. I want to have it. I want to yeah. play through it. And, like, it was great. And I really liked it. And the thing that struck me, like, even coming to it late like that, like, because I was, like, we were coming up on the PS2 era at that point, was, like, how creepy it is, like, mm-hmm. initially. Like, it's, it's even... Like then, I was like, "Oh, this is like the tone here is yeah. really impressive. It was, like it is eerie. There were there yeah. areas that were legitimately haunting, which is not an yeah. adjective I use a lot when I'm describing you know games and stuff. But even back then, and a lot of it was the music. I mean, music huge because you remember like, oh, Metroid. You think of like you know, for me, an idiot. I'm like, oh, it, the good songs from Smash Brothers. Like, okay, crazy <laughs> layers, stuff like that. But it's like, oh no, that was all just in the first one. The second one is so much more atmospheric and mm-hmm. subtle with the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's worth noting that even though she doesn't have a lot of character, it it was one of the earliest games that came out where you had a female protagonist that was, even though she didn't have a lot of character, like she was a badass and and it's everyone respected. Yeah, you don't yeah. need a lot yeah, of personality. Bounty hunter. Was yeah. it uh, was it a surprise for you when she took off her helmet at the end of the game? I no, I. You didn't you know mean, about like that. the original Metroid? Oh, did you play the original Metroid? Yeah, you did. Okay. Oh, okay. Which and I that was another one that I hadn't beat. I think it was in a different cousin that I watched beat it, and and he was good enough at it that he could get like the swimsuit ending, and so that blew all of our minds, <laughs> our prepubescent minds. <laughs> but the other, I think this was the most interesting fact because I did not know this. Uh-huh. Um, it did not sell well at all. Really? Because it came out so late, it ended up being the 33rd best-selling game for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And it was outsold by Super Scope 6, if you remember <laughs> that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't know anyone who had that. I know. That's the, that's why it's so remarkable. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it only sold, I think it was, like, less than a million and a half copies or something oh. like that. I don't know why Nintendo isn't backing that very much. Yeah. Did yeah. you get any ports? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, like the virtual console, obviously, but n- yeah, no. it, didn't, it didn't come to Game Boy Advance. That's really because weird. They did yeah. the re- they did Zero Mission, and yeah. Metroid Fusion was like a big that was a big yeah. deal to launch the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. yeah, the only other place was is 
the SNES Classic, the the Wii U Virtual Console. I guess the 3DS Virtual Console. Yeah. But just yeah, just Virtual Console. Yeah, yeah. but it, that's it is such a weird and it, you know like all of the history talks about how everyone thinks it's the greatest game and how all the magazines have, you know, kind of crowned it as mm-hmm. one of the best games ever. But I can totally understand how Nintendo has a different percept- perspective on it because it, they did put a... It had a very large budget and a long time going into it because the first one was so successful and then it, it did not sell well. You yeah. Know? And there's even the weird wrinkle, too, on top of that. It's like Sales-wise, it's not pulling through. And then I also remember learning... From a good source that Miyamoto, he's just like, he doesn't really like it. It's yeah. not his thing, right? And not like yeah. he's pushing everything forward with Nintendo, but like it's your creative, you need somebody to champion it. And it's the most powerful creative voice in your company. It's like, I don't really get it. Yeah. I don't know why people like this so much. The boss, the boss doesn't really care about it and it didn't sell well. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a tough one to champion then. Mm-hmm. But still, there's those rumors that it's going to be a new 2D Metroid game this year that seemed pretty reliable, maybe take a diffusion, so it should be yeah. interesting. Yeah, and it, it is still my favorite Metroid game. I don't know if everyone feels that way. If you guys liked the Prime stuff. I and, like Metroid Prime. But. And when that when that 2D came, the new 2D game came out, it, like, without the sprites, I don't know what it is. I'm you broken. can do it. I'm a broken human being. Well, you can play the, uh, the sprite remake then, the, the, the fan made. Oh. Is that, was that nuked? Another Metroid 2 remake? Yeah, it's yeah. probably hard to track down, but... Ah, you, you can probably find, you can find out. Anyways, Kyle, number two. Number two is... Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. Yeah! <laughs> is that the title? Hell yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I love that game. Um, it, like, I, I sort of missed the boat on, boat on Super Mario World, but I did... Uh, I got a copy of Super Mario well, we'll just call it Yoshi's Island, like, right, pretty quickly after it came out. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was, it's, I just love that it puts, like, uh, a wrinkle on just, like, solid platforming, you know, with the egg throwing. I mean, just like Dixie, having the hover mechanic for Yoshi's, it's like, oh, yeah. every platformer needs that yeah. little hover yeah. bump yeah. there. And I just, the art is so cool. Like, it just, like, it's one of those things it's a, that there's that. The story that, like, Miyamoto, uh, to just <laughs> keep talking crap about Miyamoto and other things, like, he never, he didn't like the way Donkey Kong Country looked, apparently. Yeah. Like, he was never a fan of that. He just thought it would age poorly. And, I mean, he was right, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but the the Yoshi's Island look, I think, is pretty timeless. Like, it, it looks like a like a, ch- a child's drawing, kind yeah. of. And it just, it works so well to be, like, carrying a baby around. And, like, the bosses are so great. Every boss is interesting and cool. Yeah, like, Raphael the Raven, which I think is like the fifth yeah. world boss. You're on the moon. You have to like slam it and go around there. I loved it. And it's like, man, it was like a weird precursor to Mario Galaxy in a way, just like yeah. running all the sides of the planet. And I loved it that when I visited Nintendo's headquarters in the States, one of their conference meeting rooms on the ground floor is called Raphael the Raven. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not yeah. a weird specific name for the circular conference room? It is. Yeah. No, it's upside <laughs> down. You just stomp on the little plants. Yeah, also through. that final boss like is just incredible and the soundtrack is awesome. It's one of those yeah, like, just that weird metal the yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's one of those games that, like, for a long time, I would just, like, get home from school and be like, you know what, I'm going to go beat the end boss because it's just so much fun. Yeah. Like, I would just play that end boss over and over. And it's a game that I've played through multiple times. I, I played it through on Game Boy Advance when it came back out on Game Boy Advance, uh, even though they, like, changed the audio a little bit. Well, they added, like, the boing hop and basically, like, the yeah. smash for the sound effects in there, which I'm not crazy about, but yeah. it's still a great version. They added new levels as well, but... A lot of those were just they were ridiculous because I was playing. And they're also hard to get because you have to get like perfects on every level. I unlocked them and I played them. Yeah, but I don't 
think I really had the best time. <laughs> no, I was going for a 100% run when I was playing on the DS, on the Game Boy version. And yeah, I remember there's a level called Items Are Fun. Where it's like, here's just everything from Yoshi's Island packed into one level. Go ahead and find everything to get 100%. And I could never do it. Like yeah. That one, I think there's another one that I never found. There's a crazy the there. sewer level that my brother and I drew the map to try to get through because there were pipes that would take you to different locations yeah. and stuff like that. That, that was one of the bonus levels, right? One of the downsides yeah. of Yoshi's Island are the mazes. Yeah. Especially like towards the end, I think there's a level called like the Long, Long Maze. And they aren't joking. Like, you know, I've yeah. played through that game so many times. Like That one's always like, oh, no. Yeah. There we go. It's like going to be a grind. Yeah, just fantastic. It's like probably it's. I mean, I don't know. It's always that debate is like, is it a Mario game? But like, if you if you consider it a like a mainline Mario game, it is like easily my favorite 2D Mario. Oh, I'm 100 like, yeah, yeah, by a mile. Not having nostalgia packed in with all this stuff coming to it late. Like it wasn't until college that I even really played Yoshi's Island. Like I might have seen it here and there or something. I was like, oh, I should check this out. I loved it in a way that topped all other 2D Nintendo platformers for me. Like, I think it has aged so well, the variety. And also, I don't know if it's a little bit of, like, the underdog thing of people don't like it. There's some, like, Mario World fans that are like, eh, that's, like, the weird kitty offshoot. You don't but like it's it? It's weird because, like, people love Mario 2, and it's also, like, a, a I, varied taste. Yes, and I love Mario 2. <laughs> what the hell? I never played it when I, I never really even knew about it. I didn't – I never knew – that it was called Super Mario World 2. And yeah. so when I finally found that out when I was in college, and was like, oh, my God, there was a Mario World 2 that I missed. Yeah. I was like, what is this crap? And I've tried to go back to it multiple times because you guys have talked about it so many times. Yeah. I guess I have to try again, but it just never has never clicked with you. Do, uh, oh. do you hate it too, Hannah? Yoshi's Island? Yeah, as much as Jeff. I'm no, I mean, I really like Yoshi's Island. I didn't play it a whole lot, um, borrowed it from a friend yeah. one time, but I just really loved the Yoshi's Island field in Smash Bros. Oh, and sure. so oh, okay. to me, and that's the first time that like I got connected to Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Um, that's not like the hearts and the two. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's like the two. Yeah, like the two D drawings again with the children's style. Right. I um, but you know, playing it again, just always nice to have that jump and with. Um, Yoshi, for me, as, like, a young kid, Yoshi was always a more interesting character to me than <laughs> more Mario. Because like, are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, like, he poops eggs as, like, a weapon. Like, yeah. What else do you want? Yeah. I mean, it was, like, it was one of those things where, you like, the first time you eat an enemy and poop out an egg, it was kind of thing of, like, they're allowed to do this? Like, yeah. he's just allowed to poop out eggs and we're all okay with this? And zooming in on the opening for <laughs> <laughs> But also, it's cool. Yeah, I took my glasses off and pressed uh-huh. my face up against the glass. But it's nice just having that weird variety, too. Of like, obviously, you can turn into the weird vehicles, like Yoshi has a helicopter for some reason, or the mole. But, but why not? Why not why have, not have fun? Exactly. But then even beyond that, like, okay, then you can swallow the watermelons, shoot yeah. out the seeds, like, you have a little gun for oh. Yoshi. I, Donkey Kong Country pulled the same trick, but it's so effective, of just, like, the start screen just basically saying, like, everything takes place here. Yeah. And that just, like, I don't know, just makes it more compelling of, like, let's zoom in here and, like, explore this place. You yeah. Know? Like and then when you finish the world, it's like, okay, they'll zoom out and change that. Yeah. Actually, the entire world map will kind of change. Yeah. And that's, like, for sure. a good example of using that, like, Super Effects chip, like, Super Effects 2 chip, I guess, in that yeah. area it would have been. Um, but then, like, having that world map on the, on the tail screen and then also, like, in a lot of the dungeons having, like, the little... Uh, doors and wooden platforms that come slamming down and stuff. It's such a weird use of 3D. Yeah. Even though I love the art in that game, there are, like, those moments where it's like, that looks so different. That, and then also, I think it's like the game like old, CGI in an old movie, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, like, even, I think it's the game over screen. 
Like it just looks it looks like Donkey Kong Country. It's like this weird take oh, on the sure, art. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so there's weird like that. discrepancies in that <laughs> incredible <laughs> art. Game over that much. <laughs> oh. uh, my Boy. number two is also Yoshi's Island. Yeah, it's the best. Uh, Anna, number one. Number one. Um, so this probably isn't a surprise, but my number one is Earthbound. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Earthbound that we didn't get to before? Um, I don't know. We talked about it for a while. Yeah. Um. I don't know, just that, you know, that what I like about it is that it takes place in the U.S., and we still haven't really seen any RPGs do that, and that's something mm. that I appreciate about it is just the work that it inspired later on, so games like Undertale that were inspired by it. Yeah, and, undoubtedly, yeah. Um, and even just, you know, it introduced, also it introduced some ridiculous mechanics, like a lot of people don't know this, but if you press A, like, into the time of the beat of the song, you do more damage. Really? And that what? mechanic is fully fleshed out and explicit that. in Mother 3. Um, but it is, yeah, someone, like, dove deep and uh, <laughs> found that's that out. Awesome. Yeah. Because that's, that's, like, because I said earlier, like, it was a coin toss almost between Mario RPG and Earthbound. For me. Yeah. And, like, that's one of the reasons I like Mario RPG so much is because, like, I had played RPGs, even Contra at the time, and I was like, eh, this, it just feels like I'm rooting through menus. Yeah. And Mario RPG was the first chance where I was like, oh, I'm engaging in the combat still. Yeah. yeah so, like, yeah. the fact that you could do that with Earthbound as well is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. and it's still turn-based, but it experimented and played with new ways to sort of bring the player in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Jeff, number one. And it was linked to the pad. There it is. Yeah. Kyle Hilliard, number one. Mega Man X. <laughs> Does wow. that surprise you? Or? No, I guess uh, I forgot yeah. about it. I was really trying to think if you were going to throw a curveball. No, I I mean, I still, pro- I have played Mega Man X like once a year for like decades at this point. Yeah. I, I love that game. Like, I, I when I applied to Game Informer, I put on my resume that I could beat Mega Man X in under two hours, you know? And yeah, they like actually added a note that said, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it came up. Uh-huh. It was a good joke. But yeah, I just, the music, I, it was also one of those things I, when I played it, like, I would just, it's hard to explain because it is like, it's actually a, a surprisingly dark like, idea, if you look at, like, what the story is, which is kind of hidden, you know what I mean? Like, what is it like? Well, it's like this uh, world where, you know, robots have become, like, just crucial to humanity. Like, they need them for everything, and this virus rips through them, and some of them turn evil. And, like, the whole story is, like, X has to, like, come to terms with killing his own kind in order to save humanity. Like, right. And it's like, that stuff doesn't really surface that much, but, like, if you read the booklet, and, like, that's a big part of the ending, so, like... There was all like I really loved the dashing and the jumping and the and the gaining new abilities and like but just I liked all that stuff. But then like after I beat it and sort of saw that sort of like that story, like I, I would just spend so much time thinking about <laughs> that world. Like I really I I really like loved the fiction of Mega Man X in a weird way. X series. Just the X series, yeah, yeah. like which is it's so funny because I'll like I talk about X sometimes. People, are like, oh, Meg, so you like Mega Man? I'm like, nah, I don't care for Mega Man. It's uh, the dash like just changes everything to me. Like it makes it so much more fun and fast to move through those levels. But um, yeah, I just that game. I like I still play it all the time. Like it's just like it's it's one that I'll just like I can get through it in like like an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, yeah. So it's like oh yeah, I've got my 3 I've got on my Switch now. Right, right. Like, I just love revisiting that game, and like I, I want to continue even. Like I would like. To was your family really into it too? Was was yeah, my brother, me like, and my brother Tristan were like super into Mega Man X. Like that yeah. was definitely one that like uh, we would see like. Uh, 
work together to figure out the sort of um, bosses and their and their weaknesses and stuff like that. And I remember like I beat Armored Armadillo without using his special weapon, and like my brother came home from school, and I was like, I did it, man. I did it while you were gone. I beat Armored Armadillo. And he was just like, no way. Like, it was just like, it's this thing that we worked together to complete. Yeah. And it was just like. It is weird talking about all these old games and how much, like, family comes up. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, cousins yeah, sure. and siblings. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I, I, it was funny. We, uh, so I, at a PAX on one occasion, we, uh, I went and saw Mighty Number no. 9. And, um, oh. yeah. And it was, it was, Early, and I was I was playing a game, and I, I I actually enjoyed it at the time because like the, the, there's some dashing mechanics in, in my number nine, and I remember like thanking them for showing me the game, and I was like, yeah, I really love Mega Man X, so like I, I'm excited to play this because I like X so much, and like uh, the one of the people who was in the room was like, oh yeah, I, I directed X two, and then it was like, <laughs> like the door closing, I was like, oh, I would have loved to talk to you about that instead of my number nine, <laughs> like it was just like just like on the way out the door. Like, oh, oh my god, I really love Mega Man X, so I'm looking forward to playing this. And they're like, oh. I, I directed X2. All right, see you later. Thanks for stopping by. I was like, oh, my God. Right. Sound Vegas is so much talent yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Mega Man X classic uh, totally holds up today. I, I adore that game. Yeah. Uh, my number one, I guess it's kind of a recent thing. I think it, it's Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have said that before playing through it mm-hmm. for the deepest dive, but playing through that game again, like I loved it back in the day, but I'd forgotten so much. But playing through it now, I for, and maybe it'll... In the final third, maybe it'll all fall apart, and I'll remember all the flaws of Chrono Trigger. But playing through it, it's like it's just so tight. Like the fact that the point people go to to complain about Chrono Trigger is like, oh, that stupid race in the future, in the beginning. It's like, if the worst part about this game is like a yeah. forty-second mm-hmm. race that is not that bad at all. Like I know it's a different gameplay mechanic and stuff that throws some people off, but that's just I think is is a testament to how tight all the dungeons are, uh, navigating is, and you know uh, I was so enthralled by that new Final Fantasy VII trailer that I went and was traveling to Orleans uh, over the weekend and stuff. And on the flight, I played through up to the end of Midgar uh, in Final Fantasy VII. And even playing through that, like as much as I love Final Fantasy VII, that game is a mess. And there are sections where it's like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Obviously, visually, it's all a mess. I'm just like, where can I navigate? And just playing through Crunch Trick at the same time, that game is just, mwah. Like, I know we've had a couple moments of, oh, there's a door over there that I couldn't quite see, took a little exploring to find it and stuff like that, but yeah, it's just a perfect lesson in like, just good sense of momentum in an RPG, and number one is just the tone. The tone, the lighthearted spirit, that amount of sympathy that game has for every living thing in its world, and then also it's like the perfect recipe for a variety in an RPG of having time travel, of just, no matter what, we're going to shake it up every couple hours, introduce you to more characters, each character will have one of the greatest video game songs ever composed connected <laughs> to them, you know, and just keep on plowing ahead. It's, if you want to hear us talk about Crown Trigger for uh, hours and hours and hours, you can check out the Deepest Dive over on our YouTube channel or in the Patreon audio feed, but there's a lot to dive into there, but yeah, it, it is my number one to mention. It's a great one. game. Also, I'd like to formally apologize to every fan of uh, Final Fantasy VI out there. I feel you screaming. I love Final Fantasy VI, but I was really... Trying to search in my heart. It's like, I think I like these five games more. Yeah. Final Fantasy 2, that's four. four. That's actually the, the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy I've played the most. Oh, yeah? Was that one. Yeah. Uh, other shout-outs, Tetris uh, versus Dr. Mario. Yeah, versus Dr. Mario. Right, almost yeah. my number five. Yeah. Which yeah. I, and I think I probably played, I definitely played it more than Secret of Mana and probably a lot of those games, but it was... Yeah. But my love of Tetris goes so far beyond just Super Nintendo. Right, right. Also, shout-out to Lufia 2, 
uh, also one of my favorite Super Nintendo games yeah. that uh, did not quite make the cut. Yeah, I thought we talked about Mario RPG a little bit. Yeah. I actually have a lot of love for Star Fox just because it was, like, mind-blowing. You know, yeah. great soundtrack there, too. I, sure. I also played a lot of Contra 3, the Alien Wars, huh. which is, like, the weird thing about that game is, like, you have side-scrolling levels and overhead, like, isometric levels that go back and forth, which is neat. And then... Yeah. Uh, I, I also like Earthworm Jim a lot. I played that one a lot. Of course. It's yeah. funny. It's weird. Yeah. Which I was like into that like earthbound kind of just subversive like, yeah, what, what, use the video game medium as a way to like tell jokes. Yeah. Know? For sure. Hey, Super Nintendo, not too shabby, huh? They did. They're one of the best. Sweet. Anna, do you know how this whole thing operates? You know what, we're, what fumes we're running on? Yeah, I think so. And it's a... It's a Patreon. It's a Patreon. There we go. Patreon.com slash NMAX2Ns. That's what brought us all together. Thanks to everybody that supports us. You all are fantastic. If you support us at any level, you get access to the Discord, which is Shangri-La on the Internet. Mm -hmm. It's lovely. Uh, The best people I've ever seen on the Internet. And then also you get to leave a comment or question or topic for us to cover here on the next show. If you're a $5 supporter, you get access to the show a day earlier if you're into that sort of thing. But we have some wonderful supporters that uh, support us in a big, bad way, including HyperDot, uh, which uh, you're a little familiar with. Um, But this new game published by Glitch, so they say, Check out HyperDot, a minimal action arcade masterpiece with one rule, dodge everything. In addition to over 100 single-player levels, HyperDot features couch co-op. Up to four players can drop in and do battle with friends to see who can survive the longest. Uh, HyperDot, yeah, we actually streamed it. Uh, yesterday, you can check out the great Goaty Hunt stream. And multiplayer, I think, is the star of that show. Like, yeah. I love single player just for having a good game to play and beat my head against the wall trying to beat all 100 levels uh, while listening to podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the secret ingredient in the multiplayer mode is, like, having the randomized settings. So if you're looking for just, like, an intense four-player co-op experience, or not co-op, but competitive experience, it's great because you say, okay, first to ten wins, and go. And then every level is just so fast and always varied, and Jeffem's always horrific every time, right. no matter yeah. what. Definitely didn't win any <laughs> tournaments yesterday. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's just one of those reminders of even the simplest concepts can be so much fun when you're playing with other people and you turn it into a competition. Yeah, just you had a lot of fun last night. Yeah, for sure. So check it out, you cut. Yeah, oh, that's fine. I tried to come. That's true. It's a long story. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, uh, HyperDot's out now on Xbox One and then also on Steam. Uh, so check it out there. What kills me is, like, you know, Charles, a developer from Tribe Games, who's been working on this game for years and years and years, and there's not enough user reviews on the Steam version yet for it to say, like, positive or overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. or anything. So if you do like the game... It would be awesome for you to leave a review on there because I do think it is a, a really fun game. Yeah. <clears throat> also, get a load of this. Uh, no. How about we have some Ooh. codes to give away for HyperDot? So if you're like, check it out, you might have a chance to win here. Uh, so, hey, how about you tweet out this episode of the next show? It can be the audio version or the video version. If you tweet it out and include somewhere in there hashtag HyperDot, uh, you'll be in the running to get a code. And we have an Xbox code, we have a Steam code, so either should work for you. So I'll just go through those tweets and randomize it in there. So tweet it out, and then uh, we'll send a free game anyway. It's pretty sweet. Um, superheroes, everybody. Let's have a proud supporter here. Riley Hill from Superhero Cinema Scoop. He says, Superhero Cinema Scoop is proud to sponsor MinMax. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the latest news about upcoming superhero movies, shows, and video games. Stories from Marvel, DC, Image, Valiant, IDW, and many more are covered. Videos are uploaded at least once a week, and now there's a new audio-only version available on most major podcast streaming services. Superhero Cinema Scoop is the perfect online place for comic book movie fans. And remember, that cinema is spelled with an S. 
Awesome. Uh, Riley uploaded videos recently uh, with like the first impressions of Birds of Prey. Those reviews are coming oh. out. Is it? It seems good? like people are in the mode of like pretty good for DC. I'm optimistic about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to be. And then I, I read some of those early impressions, though, that are like, hey, look, I mean, the st- main story is nonsensical and kind of dumb, but, like, you know, it's kind of charming, and Harley Quinn's fun, right. so that seems to be the talent it's landing with. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. he goes over those first impressions, also rumors about Emily Blunt maybe playing a visible woman. She had a meeting with Marvel, stuff like that, so... Who could ever know, though? Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's true. So check out Superheroes in the Scoop with you know, her, there. Her husband almost played Captain America. Well, that's the connection. Then he could come in as Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's what people have been craving on the internet for a while. But we'll see if it'll actually happen. Happen. And the most exciting thing, we have a brand new sponsor for Min Max this month, Ooh. and it's a big one. I'm very excited about this. We've been working on it for a little while here. I am 8-Bit. If you're familiar with them, they helped out Game Informer in a huge way, and us, during Extra Life, they shipped out amazing items to us, like the Cuphead vinyls, went for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, uh, all that money was going to charity. Um, so they're fantastic. They're a creative production company, an art gallery, just a cool, funky company with a lot of great stuff on their uh, site. You can go through their store, look through what they have. Um, they've worked with Nintendo, Capcom, HBO, a ton of huge, huge companies that's doing really cool collaborative projects, stuff like that. Um, but... They have a physical version of Kentucky Route Zero, a game that Serial obviously really liked. I played through the second episode. I want to keep going. Their second act. I'm going to blast through it. But uh, they have a physical version of that on PS4 and Switch, and they also have uh, the soundtrack on vinyl. It's a great soundtrack, Kentucky Route Zero there. And they wanted us to stress that for more information on the Kentucky Route Zero products, please call 1-858-943-6579. This is now, it feels like a radio show. Yeah. But please, for more information on the Kentucky Route Zero... part of the game? No, 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 no. Just saying, for more information on this, my 8-bit, call 1-858-943-6579. And also just check out their site overall. They have so many amazing things uh, in the store. Like, yeah, the Cuphead vinyl, uh, Last Guardian soundtracks, Uncharted soundtracks on vinyl, uh, Lion King. They made, like, a legacy cartridge of that. Mm, Kyle, do you want to grab that? The Mega Man X thing? Uh, physical versions of games like Inside, Grim Fandango, uh, and most importantly here, you can use the promo code MINMAX at their store. You get 10% off your entire order, uh, one use per customer, but check out what they have in the store. Enter the promo code MINMAX. You'll be doing us a huge favor. Right. <laughs> That's right. M-I-N-N-M-A-X. Promo code MINMAX. You'll be doing everybody a favor and send them some love because they do a great job, but the reason listeners and viewers should be especially excited about it is because of I'm 8-Bit's collaboration, we are proud to officially bring back Question of the Week. Ooh. It's an old favorite, and it is now the official I Am 8-Bit Question of the Week for the Midnight Show podcast. So if you're a Patreon supporter and you leave a comment or question or topic for us to cover on the show for the Midnight Show podcast, uh, there is a chance that if we deem your question the best, if it makes the show better then we will honor you with the I'm 8-Bit Question of the Week and ship something out very nice. This week, it is the Mega Man X cartridge. How sweet is this, Kyle? It's super sweet. Yes, it's a re-release. This is actually a cartridge from Mega Man X with amazing box art. Playable on a Super Nintendo, right? Yes, exactly. They have uh, the Yen sticker on here, which I think is an awesome touch. And so every week we'll rotate through different things that we'll be giving away to the Question of the Week winner. So if you're listening to this and you don't support us on Patreon, maybe consider it. If you have something really good you think will make the show better, uh, it's, a, it's a cheap tier to be able to leave a comment or question for us to cover on the show. So, again, thanks to I am 8-Bit. And uh, without further ado, let's get to these questions. 
Connor, first one, he says, hey, you've been in the cohort. So in the terms of the Make Me So Better category, last week's discussion of Kentucky Route Zero made me wonder if there should have been a spoiler warning beforehand. Probably. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah that's the Game Informer show, which I thought was nice. Um, he didn't give too much away. Like, yeah. you know, there's some surreal elements. I think everybody knows that's going to be in the game there. But yeah. he was excited, you know? Yeah, he's trying to get the point across about why it's a very I mean, cool game. Yeah, I totally, like, I'm a very a spoiler-averse person as well. But, like, what the things that Surreal shared, like, it made me eager to continue where I was kind of, like, waning a little bit after that first chapter. But uh, yeah. yeah, but we also could have just said spoiler before he went in. Yeah, it. we'll try to That's do that. True. That's a good point. All right, Jeffrey Jones says... Very important question here. What status ailment do you hate the most in video games? I hate poison. It is by far the most annoying to me. Poison drains your precious life, and sometimes all the time, at the most inopportune times, like when you hit away from defeating a final boss. And to prove my point, it is the most annoying thing. Some games even have levels filled with nothing but poison. <laughs> That's a good point, Jeffrey Jones. Uh, I think, for me, it's probably confused. Yeah, uh, I agree. Is, is that just a Pokemon thing? No, I mean, even right now, point like there's a confusion status in Dragon Quest Eleven, and I think it's the idea of maybe overcoming but not knowing and then getting denied. That's just it's a roller coaster. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. Yeah, it is just having like that another layer of unpredictability. Yeah, under, unpredictability thrown in that mix, especially with Pokemon after so yeah. many years of hurting yourself. Yeah. Confusion. Yeah. I'm so sick of seeing that phrase. Yeah. Uh, even outside of like, it happens in RPGs as well, but, like, anything that slows down your walk speed tremendously. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, interesting. Uh, like, I just, it's like, I don't ever want to be slowed down. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Combine that with the poison, you got a flashing yeah. screen while yeah. you're going slow. Now there's yeah. good video yeah. game. <laughs> don't, don't mess with movement. And then also just sleep of just, like, a, well, okay, now you just can't do anything is always annoying to Yeah. Well, this might be an item in there for you. Uh, good point, though, Jeffrey Jones. Many games aren't good. Um, <laughs> Evan McHugh writes in and... I'm sorry for this, Anna. I'm sorry. This doesn't represent the classiness of our community. But Evan writes in and says, Does Warcraft 3 refarted being a stale <laughs> fart make you afraid that Diablo 4 is going to be a fart? We mentioned this on last week's podcast about, like, it's a tale. Like, ah, oh, people are kind of pissed about Warcraft 3 moving yeah. on. And now it is. I mean, that's all my YouTube feed is, is just, like, the outrage machine is fully aimed so at because Blizzard they again. didn't do a good job remastering it? Is that it's a complicated on? thing. So when they, they didn't have all the Pokemon? <laughs> Basically. No, so when they announced it at BlizzCon last year, um, and also at the same time that I was actually in Blizzard for two days creating the cover story content for Game Informer for Warcraft 3 Reforged, but when they announced it, they said, oh, we're retooling a lot of the story to be better in line with uh, World of Warcraft's lore, stuff like that, redoing these cutscenes, all these things. Um, and then they eventually walked back and made it public, like, oh, actually, we're not going to redo the lore as much as we first planned. And then the crazy thing is they showed so much gameplay, and we played through it, of showing, like, this very important mission within Warcraft 3 where, oh, the camera's dynamic, they had close-ups, they're reanimating all the faces, and then in the finished version, it's just, like, basically locked off camera again while this important story content's happening. Hmm. So they just dialed back the production values, it seems, in a lot of ways with it. And then also people are pissed about uh, certain tech features and, most importantly, the fact that this Reforged version has replaced the old Warcraft 3 version that you could download. So you can't even get the original version of Warcraft 3 now unless you're playing it off a disc. And so the fact that it's like, 
aggressively invading people's memories with what people see as an inferior product at this point um, is really frustrating mm-hmm. for a lot of fans. And then there's a lot of other little details in there too. If, but if you're someone who never d- didn't play it though, is this still like the ver- like a good version to play? Is it are there, are there quality of life improvements that make it like a uh, like they changed the UI and stuff, which yeah. I guess is a little bit, but it seems like they're airing on the side of making it more classic and not doing as much reinvention okay. as they originally planned. But gotcha. Yeah, that was crazy being on that cover story trip because it was so early in development. Like, we played it and we played the missions that were at BlizzCon and stuff like that. But then I remember talking to the writers and they're like, oh, yeah, we're working on the first draft of the revised script right now. And it's like, well, that's a, you think you would have done this before then. So I think this entire project was really coming in hot. There were a lot of ideas about, like, oh, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing. I think we're probably just going to remake the first cinematic and leave it at that, which is what they ended up doing, right? Uh, but then even just dialing back the production values on the story, it seems counterintuitive of what they were saying because mm-hmm. they wanted it to be this kind of grand reinvention of, you know, the, the, the pivotal moments in Warcraft 3. Yeah, it could have been an opportunity to, like, revitalize the sort of classic RTS. You know what I mean? Like, in the same way that, like, the Link's Awakening remake, like, got everyone, like, oh, you know, I, Link's Awakening's great. It's, like, this new audience, and, like, there was all these people like me who never really played RTSs. Like, that, if it was really exciting, like, it could have been a chance for me to be like, all right, let me check out this classic game under a new lens. And, and you like, still can. Yeah. You know, it's not exactly as ideal. But what breaks my heart is just knowing that I really loved that classic game scene within Blizzard. I thought they were really awesome. I mean, they did a great job with StarCraft Remastered. I know a lot of that was outsourced, and even a lot of the, you know, they got a lot of art from, art help from overseas with Warcraft 3 v 4 as they were saying. Um, but they were expanding into a new building, and they're really, like, building out the classic games team, so it's shocking that it seems like the production values went so much lower than expected. Maybe they were pulled off, maybe they're already working on Diablo 2 remastered, you don't know, mm-hmm. like, there were no hints of that when I was there, but that's the obvious next choice for remaking a classic game. Um, so, no, I don't think it necessarily means, Eben, that Diablo 4 is going to be a fart. Very different yeah. teams, and this seems like a case of just the schedule budget got slashed in a huge way. Because, you know, spending two days with those developers, like, they loved Warcraft 3. Like, this is, I'm sure, very emotional for them, the fact that it was released in this way. I don't think you can pull the lazy devs maneuver. I think it's just Activision or whoever slash the budget probably in a, in a big bad way towards Which the end there. Is kind of concerning for future projects as well. If it is something that they were so passionate about and they really wanted to do changes to it, if it was an Activision saying, well, okay, you got to get this out the door. Yeah. Don't spend any more money on it. Right. I guess I'd be a little worried about Diablo 4. Yeah, or maybe it's just we need to release Warcraft 3 or 4, just get it out the door so we can yeah. space things out so now we can actually yeah. take more time with Diablo yeah. 4. And who knows? And hopefully the fact that it, it is a remaster versus the next big step in this series, they wouldn't do that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Holden Hint says, hey, what pronunciation of a word have you never heard and only read then to realize you've been saying wrong your entire life? I commonly correct people with Pokemon pronunciations despite the, despite the fact that I'm sure if I'm actually right. I've been pronouncing it Arcanine my whole life when I suppose Arcanine would make more sense. That's a tough one. I don't know. I've been saying Arcanine, too. I see what everybody has. You know what's funny? So, I have to talk about my kid, which I know you love so much. But I 
The thing that I, I do love you again. The thing that I've been reading to her lately by, by her choice is just like Pokedex entries on Pokemon. She just loves for me to read the name of the Pokemon and like the entry, and I've just been going through all 800 of them. That's oh her bedtime story. And she is constantly correcting me on how to pronounce certain Pokemon. What does she know? The anime. Damn it. <laughs> So it's like it's, it's just it's funny that uh, the the sort of impetus of this question comes from Pokemon because I've been experiencing that every night for like months. I'm like, no, Dad, that's not how you say his name. Oh no! Uh, Wait, no. Do they stand out? Do you remember? Uh, no, I don't have any off the top of my head, but it's, it's usually just like little like vowel sounds, like you know, yeah, like yeah. that. But uh, she's very particular. <laughs> yeah, as particular as Jeffem is with me in the deepest dive when I pronounced it the Massimian. Yeah. I've been calling it the Massimune, the sword, my entire life, and then it's a Masamune. Yeah. Okay, thank you for drilling that into my... Sorry. Gull. Uh, other things? I can't remember, but I'm sure there's... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had one earlier, but now I can't remember, so... Yeah. It is tough, just when you've been reading these things, especially yeah. games for so long, like yeah. old games. When, like you I, were, when you were gaming for a generation where it didn't have any kind of voices or, you know, spoken dialogue, then yeah. there's a lot of interpretation going on in there. Like Final Fantasy VII, we did that deepest dive, and it's like, oh, yeah, next town is Junin. And everyone's like, what? Junin? Everyone's just horrified. It's not Sea Loud? <laughs> what do you mean? Laura uh, Croft instead of Laura. The big one? Yep. That's a big one. Uh, Juan Rolone Jr. says, hello, Midnight's crew. I just wanted to send a quick shout-out to Beaten Down Brian and Wes Bates, who put me onto you guys back when Episode Zero came out. Mm. Oh, that's sweet. Not so much a question, but a comment regarding your PlayStation screen share feature you spoke about last week. I never thought I would have bothered using it myself, but funny enough, I've needed it multiple times to help my father with a few games he got stuck on. Between Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War 2018, it saved me a lot of time trying to troubleshoot where he was stuck at over the phone. Just getting him to set it up properly is a chore for sure, but it gets the job done. That's a good strategy. Yeah, that's that's very smart. Greg Flemikeso Griffith says, Dear cohort and the computer-loving Benjamins, sure. Um, what was the first musician or band you ever saw live, and how was it? Uh, do you remember this? Yeah. Um, the first uh, band that I saw live, this is just stereotypical like, liberal arts student. I saw Alt J live. They did the album, like they had a couple of hits. I yeah. love Alt J. Yeah. They're, they're like the, the the newest, like in terms of like recent music. I don't know that I've gotten as excited about a band. In, yeah. In I like that you're like, it's the first concert I went to, and he's like, oh, it's the yeah, recent I, music. I, I, <laughs> it's like what, like four or five years ago they came on this, this, yep, this theme? Yeah. I yeah. Like, I went like the first semester of college. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that would line up the timelines. Were yeah. You, were, you, were you also surprised by the way that the singer looked? Like, I watched a video of them live, and you I was like, all right, what? that guy's the singer. And then this guy over here started okay. singing, and I was like, what? Oh, okay. It was a Halloween concert, so they were dressed in costumes. <laughs> 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 it could have been someone completely different. Yeah. Listening thinking we would have never Might been. not have even been them. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah, no. Do you remember Kyle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Papa Roach. Yeah, baby. When uh, their opening act was Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Is this like, wait, opening act? It was yeah. before, before they cover? Really? Yeah, in fact, I always remember it. I really thought it was funny because it was like a Papa Roach show. And they're like, hey, you guys like Michael Jackson? And everyone was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, we don't care. We're going to play a Michael Jackson song anyway. And then it was, it was fun. So. 
weird. Okay, so they're touring with it, but it was before they released the music yeah, video, which yeah. lit up the world. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I went and bought their album like within the week. I went and found it at my like local record store, right. but it wasn't. But and then I started seeing like music videos on MTV and stuff. So I felt very ahead on the curve. I felt very cool to be uh, in early on Alien Ant Farm. I remember thinking they were very cool, but it turns out it's like Michael Jackson at the time. <laughs> and then <laughs> I remember, was oh, it their follow-up music video? Was like at the movies? Yeah, yeah. it sucked. <laughs> and then I realized they don't think I don't like Alien Ant Farm at all. They're a great drummer. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, mine was Nine Inch Nails when they did their Fragile tour. Come on, good answer. Come on, cool yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, like I said, that was my first concert experience. But as far as first concert experiences go, like they had huge, like TV screens, you know, that was in sync with all the music, and you know, like I'm sure Trent Reznor, like makes all the videos himself to figure out how it will go with the music and stuff but that was yeah and my my brother got me the tickets for my birthday for that and so we were like in the front kind of mosh pit section so you are just squeezed in with people the entire time uh, and it was a crazy experience i couldn't hear for like three days afterwards <laughs> but it was worth it are you a big nine snails guy like are you a fan or was it just a I, concert to go to yeah like the downward spiral and then that album which i just got on a whim like i was driving somewhere and they announced because i i hadn't like followed the band or anything but i had heard on the radio they were like yeah nine inch nails just put out a new album it's a double album and it will blow your mind so i just drove to target and got it and it blew my mind (laughs) it was it was a that is still just a crazy album and like i said a double album and as an experience like that was Super crazy. That was also at a time when you actually listened to albums on CD players and you weren't doing like five other things while you were doing them. Yeah, so I just read the liner notes. Sat in my bedroom, yeah, with the liner notes, listening to just that. And it was crazy. Yeah. And the concert was just as good. Uh, in New Orleans, we went on a tour of the Garden District, like a walking tour. Wait, I think this was you. your first concert last week? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I told you about this on Instagram. But uh, the tour guy's like, oh, this house over here, this is John Goodman's house in New Orleans. I was like, oh, pretty cool. I was like, John Goodman bought this house from Trent Reznor. <laughs> I was like, what a weird house. <laughs> yeah. I want to like to have been there when they... Handed it off. You know, Hand it off the keys. Oh, yeah. yeah. I assume Fred Reznor gave a tour of the house to John Goodman. Yeah. I was really thinking about it. Like, it's probably something like, I remember seeing Johnny Lang with my parents you know, oh, on okay. some on some trip when I was young. But, like, the first one that, like, I traveled to the cities, which is, like, a two-hour drive. Um, I think we talked about it. I'm from, like, West Central Minnesota, like okay. New London, New London Spicer, yeah. you know, like, you know, that whole thing. Okay. Wilmer, have you heard of that? Yeah. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, they're famous. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Wilmer. No, but actually, I do know Wilmer. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so drove to the cities. I think it was probably, I was trying to do the math here. I think it was for Sparta, and I think it was mm. for their Porcelain album. So it was, like, 2004. So was the second been, album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that wasn't as good as the first That's one. right. Yeah. yeah, you remember it well. But oh, yeah. Yeah, I like the third one. Yeah, I bought that second one. Like, they came out. Yeah. Like, that seems, uh, talk about it for a second. Yeah, but it shows up to Quest in downtown Minneapolis. So that was really That's cool, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. I thought that was really cool, too. My concert was lame. You had a cool one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I uh, did see Nine Inch Nails eventually for what it's worth. Yaro says, hello, I've been looking for a good sci-fi RPG to play since finishing Chrono Trigger. What are some of the best sci-fi RPGs you'd recommend? Um, 
what? Did it cry? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, let's say there was, it was on Genesis, I think, is kind of where it found its footing. It was popular. And it, like, Fantasy Star? No, well, yeah, it's actually Fantasy Star is a good answer. But there was um, Sh- Shadow... It, they, they they made an, a, a first-person sh- uh, competitive first-person oh, shadow, shadow run. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you, did you play that back in the day? No, I just know people really like it. It's sci-fi. <laughs> oh, right? okay. All right. Uh, I love Star Ocean 2 on the original PlayStation. They remade it a little bit for the play, for the PSP, um, but I think they might... I know they remade the first Star Ocean recently, so I hope they get to Star Ocean 2 sometime soon, because I think that game was still a hold-up. I think it's really cool. Um, Said Muffin, what is the last book you read or are currently reading, or what is a book you would like to read? Seems like he just wants us to talk about books. <laughs> Should we read anything interesting? I'm reading a book called How to Do Nothing, um, and I'm really enjoying it. What's the premise? Well, it's kind of simple. It's about how to do nothing. Um, it's basically just a long – it's by an artist, and it's sort of – I'm in the middle of it right now. But she's sort of talking about how – to sort of unplug, you know, in the modern media <laughs> age. Um, but it's also, like, about connecting to people and connecting to nature. So it's just sort of chock full of these really neat ideas, like listening to what's going on around you um, rather than, like, even if you have headphones on, like, practicing deep listening, like, hearing everything, like the fan, maybe the birds, um, maybe the heater, just, yeah. Wait, but you said even if you have headphones in? Yeah. So people yeah. listening to this podcast now... Yeah, they should pay attention to what they can hear in addition to the podcast. Should we give them a moment of silence? No, we're going to no. keep talking. No. It's, it's called multitasking. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, i got a couple books on Minnesota history that I've been trying to go through. At some point, I think I just need to pull the plug and be like, I'm not going to get through this. I just need to put it away. I'll go back to reading some boring political book or something. Uh, I think uh, the last book that I sat down and was like, all right, I'm going to read this too, was, was David Sedaris' last book. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I love David Sedaris. Um, and then also, once I'm tired of reading Pokedex entries, I move over to uh, Lord of the Rings, which I've never read. Uh, Are you reading that to your daughter? Yeah, it's a great at putting her to sleep. Does he like it at all? No, no. It's just, what are you doing? It's for me. If I've got to sit there and read Pokemon entries for a little while, I can read a couple pages of Lord of the Rings out loud until she falls asleep. Huh. Okay, so you read Pokedex entries and you say, now let's shift over to this one. Does she go like, oh, more yeah. food descriptions? Yeah. Oh, they're okay. still walking? They're still walking? Yeah, what's, what's interesting to you about that book? What's to that? Um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. It's tough to say. Like, I, 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 I don't. I haven't found it particularly interesting yet. I, it still is just a lot of people walking around through the woods. <laughs> That's what it is so far, you know. Yeah. But it, I guess the one interesting thing is, like, knowing the films reasonably well, like, to see the sort of, you know, different perspectives on, like, oh, this is, you know, this is that scene from the film where they're hiding, you know, on a tree and stuff. Right, right. Except it's 30 pages long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope I, I hope I, I get excited about it and get into it. It's not my first stab at trying to read through that series. Yeah. Uh, Brooks, Michael well, Williams. I think so. I, didn't you I, I had something Please. to say, but you were, you were going on. Hey, I'm going to keep on no, ahead unless somebody jumps in. Yeah, it's a book called Game Tech, which is about board game design, and it was kind of adapted from a a segment on a podcast, and so it jumps around to a lot of different design-centered ideas that go into board games, but also talks about kind of science and math behind it and stuff, and it's been very interesting. Yeah. So... There you go. Game tech with a K instead of CH. Mm. If you want to look it up. Got it. 
Uh, Brooks Michael Williams says, Hey, Tanning, Shadem, and the CLCs. Uh, sure. Yep. Uh, would love to hear your takes on the Platinum 4 and the wonderful 101 Kickstarter. I backed it for the physical Switch version, thinking it'd be an uphill battle, but Platinum's crowdfunding plans have hit the ground running. Any interest on your side of things? What game in the Platinum 4 would need to be revealed to get you more interested? Okay, have you guys been following this saga? So Platinum has been teasing the Platinum 4, and then they launched a Kickstarter for a port of Wonderful 101, and it's interesting because it's like, okay, $50,000 will bring our Wii U game, Wonderful 101, to the Nintendo Switch, and then upping it will bring it to the PS4, bring it to PC, stuff like that. Um, it's just weird that it's like $50,000 for the port to the Switch? That seems very cheap. Yeah. It's an odd Is that just like a bonus? of? I don't know. Because I, I, you can't develop it for that much, but they must just figure they'll make the cost up, and then, or $50,000 will cover the cost, or is it just a way to get $50,000? Well, they're well, getting a lot more than $50,000. Like, it's doing really well. I think it's, you know, well over, over like, $1.5 at this point, something like that. There are a lot of wonderful 101 games. So, was a good idea. I think it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird for a game that I thought Nintendo published to now go to crowdfunding to try mm-hmm. and bring it to other platforms, but it's cool. I'm excited. Uh, I would love to see, like, a port of Metal Gear Rising on current Oh, Planet. yeah. I think they'd be a really likely candidate if they do more, if that's what this Platinum 4 is hinting at. Seems like people are confused about what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably games that were released. Maybe, right? yeah. Okay, yeah. back on that angle. Who knows? Uh, Victor Pham says, hey, with the recent release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions on Switch and Wonderful 101 now coming to other platforms, is the U, uh, sorry, is the Wii U finally dead? Yeah, I think it happened a while ago. Yeah. Uh, are there any other Wii U exclusive games that are worth playing? So what's still trapped on that system? Earthbound. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Bringing virtual console over, yeah. I mean, honestly, the yeah. virtual console is great on there. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Mario Run in Nintendo Land. Mario Chase. Oh, Mario Chase. Yeah, excuse me. Specifically. Yeah. That wouldn't, I guess you need, like, a phone or some other yeah, way. Yeah, the you can camera isn't an integral, but it's, like, a fun extra layer to that. But just to have a private screen. Oh, I guess you could do it with, like, yeah, on the Switch. Switch. Yeah, yeah I, I played that as recently as, like, like a year ago yeah. with, with the kid. And I was like, that game's super fun. It's, it's still so awesome. Yeah. You play it extra light. It's so great. Yeah. Um, I know it's on other platforms, but I still think the Wii U version of Rayman Legends is really special. I think it's the best version of that game. To yeah. Have the touch controls on the gamepad like that is really cool. Is Legends on Switch with touch controls? But even then... Oh, I can't imagine. Do you think? It might be. All right, I'll yeah, look this up. Good. You guys go for other ones. Um... Ah, I just had one. But 3D World, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, 3D. Three, three. Actually, that was it, yeah. Super Mario 3D World. I, I would like both the Zelda HD remakes, which, like, oh, yeah. that sort of isn't really a Wii U game, yeah. but, like, I would just like to have Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Wind Waker would crush on Switch. I, oh, my God. Would, people yeah. would buy it all over again. More so than Twilight Princess. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would like... <laughs> I would like to see them, like, take another look at Star Fox and maybe tweak the controls and see if anything can be done with that. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, I don't know. That game is weird. I played and beat it, but I was, like, I think they could revamp it. Yeah. I think it's possible to sell with that game, right? So just, just tweak the controls a, a, a little bit. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Or you yeah. can keep them consistent, but, like, I don't know. That, I think that game's, like, I, I don't think they want to revisit that. Yeah. Uh, affordable Space Adventures. That's a fun game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's touch screens. Yeah, that's I what I was so. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Jacob Zeller. 
Oh, Zombie U. Yeah. They already did, I think, release it on the oh, show. Yeah. Remember, it's called The Zombies. Uh, Jacob Geller says, hey, y'all. Uh, recently, I was up in your lovely city and decided to brunch at one of my favorite places in Minneapolis, the Birdswood Cafe. I've been there four times, and every single time I've ordered the same thing. Their, quote, savory waffle, which is about as beautiful a breakfast as I can imagine. Are there any other restaurants in other cities you feel an attachment to and or get the same order every single time? Okay, this is funny because I used to work at Birchwood. Are you serious? Yeah. What did you do there? I was just a server, yeah. Oh, or, awesome. I do a little of everything, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. So this is kind of like strange. It, is the savory waffle the way to go? Yeah. Yeah, oh. it's really good. <laughs> yeah, check this out. Yeah. Where is Birchwood Cafe? It's in Seward. Oh, so okay. So on 25th Street and like 31st, it's close to the river okay. yeah, and the highway. So all the listeners in Australia, uh, head over to Seward yeah. Neighborhood. Seward <laughs> um, Neighborhood. That's the tricky. Yeah, yeah well, it's like the thing of getting the same order every time. I, even if it's not another town, but I will always do that yeah. with any restaurant I go to. I'm very stubborn. Like Chimborazo is one of my favorite restaurants in the cities, and I will just get Churrasco de Res every single time. Yeah, and I have a habit of doing that and anytime I try to get out of it and I get something new it's like well this isn't as good as the thing that I yeah. always get yeah so, exactly just stay in your rut everybody quit yeah. experimenting yeah. Are good. I have a weird guilt for ordering the same thing because I definitely mm-hmm. feel yeah. that yeah. too even though I do it oh yeah uh Remy Bach says, I'm currently playing through Witcher 3 and Dragon Ball Z Kakarot at the same time, and I came to realize I was using Kakarot as a more lighthearted break from the darker story of The Witcher. Do you guys ever find the need to have a lighthearted game on the side like that? What's the strangest combination of games you've swapped between? I don't know about, like, the lighthearted thing, but I do like having the weird duos. Like, it is weird to play Kakarot at the same time as Chrono Trigger just to have the Toriyama overload. Um, but I do like having, like, a serious, bigger story game. Even now, it's like, genuinely I'm playing Kakarot for, like, the bigger RPG experience, and then it's like, ah, and then Hyperdot's good when I have, like, 30 minutes and I listen to podcasts and just blast through these levels, you know? Mm -hmm. I I angrily put down Ninja Guide on Xbox and went and got Parappa the Rapper (laughs) 2. What? I just want, I was so angry at Ninja Guide because it was so hard, and I was like, I just want something, like, fun and light and easy, and, like, I beat Parappa the Rapper 2 in, like, one sitting, and that's exactly (laughs) what I needed. Uh, I'm also playing, which is weird, uh, Journey of the Savage Planet, which I'm really enjoying. Okay. Uh, I, I like the game a lot. But I'm also playing Metroid Prime at the same time, which is weird because there's a lot of overlap there. They both have, like, scanning. and Although Journey of the Savage Planet doesn't have a map, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, would, I wish it did because mm-hmm. uh, I think it would put it even closer to Metroid. But it's like it's that, it's that same deal. Like, you see something, you need an upgrade to get through it. Like, if I'm going, I'm going through it on, like, two different tracks on two different games and which on games two different alien worlds. Oh, Metroid Prime. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I like Dreams. Oh, good. Yeah. Are you, you going to keep playing it, Jeff? Yeah, I want to. Right now it's all Chrono Trigger whenever I get time to play games. But in a week, that won't, that won't matter anymore. It just dive ends, yeah. Um, how is Metroid Prime overall? Kyle, going through it again. Um, I'm playing it with Wii motion controls because that's weird. Why not? Uh, but I think it holds up really well. Uh, like, tone and, and, like, music and everything, like, some of the sort of uh, visuals are, like, that's about, like, the textures on certain, like, plants and stuff look okay. maybe, like, a little rough, but in terms of, like, design, yeah. like, it, it holds up great. Like, if it, it doesn't feel like an old game to me. Yeah, know? for sure. Uh, and I, I hope that that rumored port for Switch comes out. I would love to, like, play, I'm playing it, you know, I'm streaming Metroid Prime. I would love to play Metroid Prime 2 on the Switch. It's, like, how I would probably approach it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, I saw Alex Hutchinson, who's a creative director over there at uh, Typhoon on Journey to the Savage Planet. He had a very nice tweet where he said, uh, Life highlight, watching my son laugh and play a game we made from absolutely nothing. It doesn't get much better. It's like a very nice, it was almost like I get a load of this. Like, it's such a nice message. And especially mm-hmm. the part that kills me is the game we made from absolutely nothing. And maybe it's nice too now thinking of like Min-Max. Like it does feel good to just build something up that yeah. doesn't have to exist. Everything's optional, right? And they just <laughs> busted their ass and out of their way well, to make this new experience. Yeah, and also for it to not be a sequel for him to like yeah. this series that has gone on forever. Yeah. Just. Especially coming off Assassin's Creed 3 and Far Cry 4, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's a weird thing where I was listening to this other podcast. I'm not going to point fingers. But some people that were just like, eh, kind of bashing Savage Planners, kind of giving a meh. And I think that's totally fair. I'm not saying you need to kiss the game's ass because it's original IP from an indie developer, no longer indie, but they were at the time of making this game. But it's like, yeah, yeah, tip of the cap at least. Mm-hmm. Don't change your perspective of the game, but it's worth noting, like, oh, this feels like a special little thing the industry managed to create. So, yeah, we're sobering. Um, muffin Crumbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> says, hey, did you all play The Evil Within 2? I started it. There it is. Um, well, in it, there's a mini game where you have to shoot blocks of different colors to get a multiplier and earn as many points as possible. I don't think I've heard anyone talk about this mini game. Most importantly, I've never heard anyone talk about the line that Sebastian says after he fails to get a high enough score. Apparently, there's this mini game, which looks bizarre. You're like shooting out blocks, and when you fail it, the main character in the game references that Hercules meme, and he goes, Disappointed! <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird yeah. thing to put in Evil Within 2. Anyway, it's scary, man. Yeah. No question. He says, when my fiance and I discovered it, we laughed so hard, and I thought for sure that it would become a meme from Evil Within 2. I'm not going to kick something under the table. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that sounds good, Muffin Crumbs. Maybe we should go back to Evil Within 2. Yeah, that's real. Uh, reviewed that one. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who's that friend? No, yeah. It was like seven something. Uh, Eric Smith, when doing menu selections, do you guys prefer to use the analog stick or D-pad? Tough one, man. Tough one. I will, I'll usually swap it around, but prioritize the D-pad. When I'm going for efficiency, that's when you go D-pad. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't mind a little extra thumb yeah. movement. A little loosey-goosey. That's fine. Uh, we had a, a, a the, the analog stick can be problematic. One time we did a, a Call of Duty video at Game Informer, and as I was going through the menus, uh, I accidentally turned on, like, colorblind mode, and that was, like, <laughs> we didn't realize it because I was just scrolling through the menu, and it just sort of, like, it's just, you know, just enough of an angle where I accidentally yeah, yeah. turned it on. And so, like, we posted the video, and it was, like, you know, uh, just, like, hey, here's some gameplay from New Call of Duty. And I was, like, why are the colors so weird? Because it was, like, purple and stuff? Oh, no. I have no idea. Always use the D-pad, everybody. Uh, yeah. Eric Smith says, uh, P.S., would you guys ever work with Tim Rogers from Kotaku? Yeah. I, he said some very nice things about the Rabbit Fighter interviews, I think, at some point, right? Yeah, I DM with Tim a fair bit. Really? Yeah. He's, huh. uh, I don't know how, oh, because we both love Shadows of the Empire so dearly. Uh, but he, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, he's leaving Kotaku, and, uh, some people tweeted us and said, like, hey, we should have him on, so. Oh, oh, you do say that. Yeah, would you ever work with him now that he's not at Kotaku? Yeah, yeah, yeah we were open to it. I'll, you know. Jump into that long-form DM conversation we've been having about Shadows of the Empire. Get on here. That sounds good. Uh, King Prometheus says, how have you been friends? When was the last time you absolutely got absorbed into a game? Like the one more turn from Civ Games that ended up going up, going into 4 a.m. in the morning. The last time you looked at the clock and were shocked. Um, I was playing Towerfall with friends mm. like 
couple weeks ago, and it, you know, wasn't the first time I played. I've been playing it for a while, but you know, when you just get into a zone and you're with friends, and you're like, yeah, just exactly that. Looked at the clock; it was 3:30 a.m. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> to do the next oh day. Oh my god! But you know, what can you do? What settings do you go for in Towerfall? Like, what's what are the modes options in there? Okay, there's so many like modifiers yeah. for changing that that. Um, I don't even know. Like, usually we just do, like, straightforward classic and do it based on kills, not on wins. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember. Guys, it's been so long since I played the game. I love it so much. But the one I love is where you have limited ammo for the bows. Like, it's just yep. one shot. Yeah. And yeah. then if you shoot when you don't have an arrow in your in your bow, you die. Really? Which is, I think mean, that's probably another option. But yeah. I love that. Just, like, super limited ammo. Yeah. Super careful. You know exactly what you have. Because if you don't have it, you'll just annihilate yeah. yourself. You know, I should hit up the Discord because there's so many settings in that that yeah. I just don't even know the best ones. Yeah. For sure. We should do more streams of just couch co-op games. Yeah, it turns out they're really fun, yeah. Uh, let's see, we have Jeff Enright saying, in the gaming experiences you've had, what has brought you the best feeling experience? It's a broad question. Says, as an example, something I'll never forget is playing Guitar Hero 3 and successfully playing through the song Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. It made me feel like I was actually playing the electric guitar. Do you have a go-to? You can't say Sekiro anymore, Kyle. Let's check out the list. You can't keep bragging about how you beat that game. Uh, I beat Limbo in under five deaths a couple times. Okay. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, mine was The Witness because uh, it had that final like challenge that was actually timed, so it was much more intense than anything else. And you could it's, it's not like you could like look up the solution either because it was like, randomized. It was randomized right? every time, yeah. And it was... It was a lot of trial and error and thinking, like, I'm, this is just never going to happen, and it's the last thing that I have to do in this game of, like, 700 puzzles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And when I actually miraculously pulled it off, it was a huge achievement. Nice. Like, yeah. Nice. Uh, Daniel White. Hey, I know this is dark, and you all like to keep things positive in Max, but something I keep thinking about... Have you guys ever dealt with depression or anxiety? Being a games journalist must be really difficult while dealing with those issues. How do you cope? Do you have tips for getting it out of your head or for getting out of your head and being more social? Love the show. Thanks. Keep it up. Thanks for writing in, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I college was brutal for me. Uh, extremely anxious, really depressed. I was medicated for a while in college there. And I keep thinking, like, how did I kind of get out of that. By and large, I still think I'm pretty anxious, but depression's been better. Um, but I don't know. I think, like, my career really helped. And I know that's really tough advice, but I was thinking about, like, getting, I don't know, getting to work at a TV station early on as a video producer. It was something I was so excited about. And also, because of that, it, like, forced me to be more social. I was like, okay, in order to practice my love of editing, I need to go out and film stuff, and to film stuff, I need to talk to strangers and film, like, these, you know, community events and stuff like that, and, like, somehow that was a nice motivator to kind of snap out of that zone a little bit. Mm. But, yeah, I, jobs for social anxiety in general, like, working retail in yeah. high school helped me with that. Mm. Um, yeah, getting laid off recently was probably the most like anxiety I've experienced in my life. Oh, really? Period, yeah. And I think the thing, the sort of short-term thing that helped me with that was just like, just being busy. Like I did the stream to give myself a scheduled thing. Mm -hmm. I was just like cleaning a lot more around the house and stuff. Like just yeah. not 
sitting, like even games and TV and stuff were tough for me for that period there. But like just finding things to to do that are like a little more physical and like work, working out a little bit, like helping mm-hmm. help me. You know, I'm feeling better yeah. now. Uh, uh, so now I'm being lazy again. But um, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. so that 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 was helpful for me. Yeah, it is time. just that way to kind of snap out of your own head, which I know is the big challenge. But I mean. Uh, a person once said, they've since been canceled, but a person once said, like, it's hard to be sad when you're helping others. And I always think about that. And it's like, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And I know when you're depressed, it's the last thing you want to do. But, like, you want to just donate your time to charity. Like, just that feeling of joy of, like, helping out with others and being on the same page, which I think is, like, a huge struggle. When you're really depressed, really anxious, just, I just can't get on the same page with anybody else on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice way just to have some sort of, even a short-term cause yeah. or goal, working with other people who's a very dedicated thing, I think would really help. And also, I say it a lot, but getting off the Internet as much <laughs> as you can. Yeah. And, like, yeah. getting off of screens. And the other thing that I've found to be helpful is mindfulness, which sounds a lot like the book that you're reading. Yeah, you should read it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, of just like and it is it is very much that getting out of your head and and rem- getting to a place where you're reminded once thoughts start coming in of just thinking of stuff in a non-judgmental way and kind of focusing on the people that you're with in that, you know, whatever you're doing and putting mm-hmm. down devices and spending more time with real human beings helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's so tough. It's so tough to say, oh, just get out of your head about it. It's mm-hmm. impossible, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, and mindfulness, which is something that people can look up or read books like that, it, it is a very hard practice to get mm-hmm. into because the thoughts just keep on coming. And it's something that you literally have to retrain your brain yeah. uh, to deal with. Yeah. yeah, and I think sometimes it can be a waiting game, just being patient with yourself and mm-hmm. telling yourself, you know, it's okay that I'm going through this right now. Yeah. And it's not about immediately making things better, but about, like, practicing kindness to yourself mm-hmm. every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I think, like, Dan Harris, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he said at some point, which is an interesting idea, that when we hear our own internal monologue, we're the, it's the only voice that we don't get bored by. Like, if we heard other people tell the same stories as much as we tell ourselves the mm-hmm. same stories about how crappy we are, we would lose our effing minds. And it's so weird that, like, somehow we're immune from that. When it's yeah. just our minds telling ourselves the same negative thoughts over and over and over again, and someone's like, just enough of this. Yeah. I'm so sick of hearing yeah. it. You're, You're always eager to hear you it You don't again. think about that. And also, like, one thing that I've had to come to realize is I'm a judgmental person a lot towards other things that are going on as well. Mm-hmm. And, like... Just open yourself up to that. You don't think that that will have a negative impact on you if you're thinking, you know, like, oh, this is a piece of crap or this person's dumb or whatever. But, like, you're putting yourself in a mindset where you're judging things and, you know, unconsciously you're also judging yourself when you're doing those things. Like, you're comparing yourself to everything else that you're judging and that Mm -hmm. just gets exhausted if you can get to a point where you're, you're kind of, going against those initial things and trying not to judge things like mm-hmm. that helps with yourself too. Yeah, for sure. Tim Collins says, greeting to an Urs. I don't like that yet. Uh, what are some, what are some times that the people at the table with you have made you laugh the hardest? My friends are pretty consistently funny, but there are always a few times that stick out when they've really gotten me. Also, welcome on. That's nice. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Anna, when do we make you laugh the hardest? <laughs> oh, man. Man, you were talking about yeah. your town, Avon, earlier. Yeah. That was slaying yeah. me. Anyway, sorry, I know this is a weird oh, one for no, you. but don't worry. Uh, I think of, with Jeffum, I think it was we're at E3 at some point, and you just did this physical comedy bit that I have never considered you were capable of. We were, like, flailing and walking up the stairs and walking down the stairs, and it was like looking at some <laughs> silent film comedy genius. I don't remember that, but it was I, amazing. I heard rumors of this, that you were like an amazing physical comedian. It was like crackfalls really on these stairs. I, I thought you were bringing up a different E3 thing where I, I sat down on a sofa in a hotel lobby, but I fell out of it purposely, and oh. everyone laughed so hard that like the manager came out, and he seemed like very upset. <laughs> that, like, what were these shenanigans that people were doing in our Wait, in my life. Wait, was more recent? Or no, this was the murder hotel uh, yes. where we okay. were. Yeah. Yes. I remember this. Yes. yes. <laughs> where we were instructed not to go out. I, I think it was by the same hotel guy. He was like, yeah, don't go out at night. Just if you're going to go out, make sure you have someone else because, yeah, it's not a bad, not a good neighborhood. Oh, Thanks, get your hotel is in. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um... The one that I think of, I, I, maybe you'll remember it when I start explaining it. It was, it was, there wasn't that many people in the office. Yeah. This was that game former. I hadn't been there. I hadn't been there very long at that point. And you were editing something, and you just asked out loud something along the lines of like, "What is that? What's that thing on a bike called?" I said, "I said, I said, Kyle, the hub of a bicycle tire." Yeah, and that was it. Like, and then did I respond? Do you remember? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think I said I was like I wasn't sure, and then just like you, you didn't acknowledge me responding to you, uh-huh. and it was like, I swear, probably like five minutes of silence, and you had just gotten on the ground and like solid snake crawled all the way across the office under my desk and like grabbed my leg. I like have no idea what the like punchline was or what the goal was, but I laughed so hard because it was just I did not understand what was happening at all. Do you remember? You remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that also made me laugh a lot because because what's funny to me, and this is a very stupid way of looking at comedy, but I think about it all the time. Is what's funny to me is not doing that. It's the idea of okay. Somebody starts to ask the question, what's the hub of a bicycle tire called? And then he just disappears. <laughs> so that was the idea. Like, I started to ask this and realized it was a stupid thing to ask, so then I just decided to go on the ground and crawl and hide for a while before I think you, know, you were just, like, under my desk yeah. for, like, a really long period of time. It was like, it was like you'd been embarrassed about the question you asked. Right. And then, I don't know, it's just, like... It, I was hysterical laughing. It was I had no idea what was happening. You are very good at setting up situations where someone walks in on you and you're like doing something purposely trying to upset them or freak them out. Yeah, that's really my specialty. Yeah. You mean like just waiting for you to come down the stairs and jumping out to scare you, which I think we did like last week or something. No, it it was something else. What is this? I I'm not going to say it because it was <laughs> Wait, where I set something up to scare somebody. It was obscene. Oh. <laughs> you're good at you caught me on the stairs <laughs> alright that's inappropriate yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or the time when I came in to do minfax yeah. uh, upstairs you're very good at those kind of situational <laughs> comedy <laughs> I'm truly like I should drop my copy cup I'm realizing all these instances where it's the same joke which I've been over again um, I was thinking right. of one recently it's, it's kind of in this vein where when I was 
with Jeff Cork in Japan on the Monster Hunter World Iceborne cover story trip, it was so absurd where we finally landed, finally got to our hotel. He ran to the bathroom right away, and I noticed, like, oh, there's a very dumb little white robe on the bed. And so, like, quickly, like, took off all my clothes <laughs> and put the robe on and then, like, just sat in the bed <laughs> looking at Cork, waiting for him to get out of the bathroom. And I was like, this was taking a while. Why did it take this long in the bathroom? Then, like, a minute later, Cork comes out of the bathroom wearing the same robe <laughs> that he was also in the bathroom. We both were <laughs> like, what if we just Ooh. really got into these robes? Really it was very good. All right. Bob Buell says, hey, is there a retro game you absolutely love but believe is lost to the annals? Annals of time. For me, Fantasy Star 4 is that game. While every retro Final Fantasy game is still a lot of different reasons, the only thing mentioned when it's Sega's counterpart comes up in these conversations is either Fantasy Star 2 or online. I don't think I've ever heard Fantasy Star 4 mentioned on any podcast. Didn't we just mention it earlier on this podcast? Yeah. Um, so what is that game for you that is lost to time, that never gets mentioned? What was that game you were said was your fifth favorite Super Nintendo game of all time? Evo yeah. Search for Evo. That was a good answer. Definitely yeah. lost the time. Um, we're actually we're talking about it uh, on a break. We're talking about the Satellaview games. Oh, like literally lost the time. Yeah, yeah, like the Super Nintendo Online Japan only. Like you could create an your own avatar and play Link to the Past. Well, there was like, like a avatar. sequel to Link to the Past for it. Yeah, but not not in like a, a Between Two Worlds sense, but just like tweaking Link yeah. to the Past a little bit. But yeah, there's like the weird stuff, like music cues and everything like that. Like, I don't, there's no way to see that stuff now, you know? Yeah. Uh, mine, which I forgot about, but I finally remembered, uh, was a game called, I think it was Onyx, O-N-Y-X, which was a Macintosh game, which I had played at a friend's house. But it it was kind of like Marble Madness, where you're controlling yeah. a marble around these areas with the mouse. But it was it was just a very bizarre kind of puzzly game. But the other thing about it was that it had it was like shareware, but the the it was supposed to come with an instruction manual, and the instruction manual would give you like passwords to figure out how to, like, get past, you know, like, once you got to level 10 or whatever, there'd be blocks that would have different, you know, numbers and letter combinations on them, and you need you needed to have the instruction manual to get through it. And so when we were at GI, I was thinking that would be, like, an interesting, weird game to do a feature on. Yeah. And so I, I found an emulated version of it, but then I also had to figure out where to find, like, a, someone had scanned the copy of the instruction booklet that had all these passwords on it, but it wasn't, and then I never got to do it because we got fired. <laughs> so the feature didn't happen, but it, it is a, it was a very super weird, and even when I was trying to Google it, like, it was very hard to find information on this game. Yeah, but, I love those types of games. Like, I was thinking about, with this question, this game called Jungle Hunt, which I really loved playing on the Apple II. It was one of my favorite games as a kid. And then growing up, it's like, oh, wait, was it just like a Pitfall ripoff? Because it's pretty close mm-hmm. to Pitfall. But looking at it, like, they both came out in 1982. And so I don't think it's a Pitfall ripoff. It seems like an original thing where they were trying to rip off Tarzan. Mm. Well, how, like, how far apart? In 1982, was it a few Yeah, I guess months? they made games, like, in, what, two weeks back I then? I mean, they could make them a lot faster. It still could have been, yeah. yeah I don't but, know. I mean, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very good. I think they originally released it as, like, Jungle King, but then I guess they got sued. 
by the Jungle King. By the Jungle King. Slander. I never swung from the vine that way. Uh, no, because I guess it was like a Tarzan thing. But it's cool. You get to like swim underwater and stab sharks and stuff. I just played it actually the arcade version a couple years ago and still really like it. But. I played this version of Oregon Trail, but it was Amazon River. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't been able to find anything on it since. I've kept, because I never played Oregon Trail, but I played the Amazon River version. Yeah. Of it Oregon was still made Trail. by Mac, like the same company that made Oregon Trail. They okay. had like some weird spin offs. I never played the Amazon version. Yeah. Is it fun? Yeah, it, yeah, it is fun. Yeah, I mean, it looks completely different. Because okay. you're, it's completely, I mean, so it's a computer game, and it's not like it's more sophisticated than Oregon Trail, but it's the same oh, really? premise. Yeah. Mm. So it's like better graphics, like 90s computer graphics. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you fish instead of hunt, and you, yeah, it's like, imagine if every mechanic in Oregon Trail was reimagined mm. to be mm. on like a canoe going yeah. down the river. Yeah, I want to play that at some point. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Taylor Reinch, she says, Benning and the boo-boos. No. Uh, over the last several years, I've found that I have less and less time for games that I tend to bound, bounce off of most new games that I play. Sorry, I'm botching these. My question is, are there any hobbies that you grew up being really into that you've had to put aside as you become an adult with more responsibilities? If so, what have you done, if anything, to keep up with them, even though you don't actively participate in them anymore? Thanks, and keep up the good work. I have to jump up to the $20 tier on Patreon for at least one month to talk to you guys from Infax. $5 a month for all the great content you put out, and the audio exclusive feed is a steal. Thank you for the plug, you Taylor. wrote that last I part. promise I did not. I did not. But, yeah, the end of February, if you want to talk to us, uh, we'll have another call-in episode of Infax for trailer supporters. Anyways, uh, hobbies that you had to put away. Kyle, drumming? Yeah. Is that the music you go Yeah, I played a lot of music in high school and early college in a band and all that stuff. Uh, and then, like... You know, as you move out and, like, you have apartments and stuff, like, you can't, I can't put drums in there. Um, wait, wait, you have a drum set in your house. Yeah, I mean, that was one of, the, like, one of the reasons I want to buy a house, you know, other than, like, the having a place to raise my child and all that. Like, I wanted a kid. <laughs> I wanted a location where I could set up my drums. Um, so, and that, it, I don't play them as much as I'd like, but yeah. I look at them and it just makes me happy that I have a space for them. So, yeah, music would be my big one, playing drums specifically. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, Chris Bartlett says, hey, a cashier at a Circle K commented on my MinMax t-shirt, and I got really excited. And I was like, you listen to MinMax too? Then he got really quiet for like 30 seconds while I was paying, and he said, I've just played too much Final Fantasy to not know what MinMax is all about. Okay. I hurriedly tried to explain to him what MinMax 2 ends was while well, my family tried to usher me out the door, but I'm pretty sure he just thought I was a nut. I tried the end. Hey, thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's like one time when I went to that coffee shop and I was wearing the Double Fine Adventure t-shirt. And I walk in there and he's like, hey, man, love the shirt. I was like, oh, are you a backer? He's like, a what? Are you a backer of the Kickstarter? He's like, no, man, I just love adventure as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's impossible. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with an adventure. I mean, who's anti-adventure? Um, also, in terms of that uh, T-shirt, Chris, uh, new merch is going to be coming to the store soon. Um, so was the cashier just a fan of min-maxing? Yeah. Just aware of the concept of min-maxing, and so they're like, hey, nice shirt. Is a t-shirt promoting min a weirder thing to get excited about and point out <laughs> hey, man, podcast. You go to Circle K and try and figure that out. Min-maxing. Uh, Tom Blackburn says, what genres are popular in movies but non-existent in games? For me, I'd love to see a political thriller video game. Mm. Does, do any exist? Political thrillers? The Mission Impossible games. <laughs> Mission Impossible 64. Yeah. 
with the impossible second yeah. level. <sighs> I wish a politician would have gotten involved to stop the release <laughs> of Mission Impossible on N64. I mean, I'm sure there's some indie game example, right? But yeah. I can't think of political thriller. I know, like, a narrative adventure game that maybe could be classified as a political thriller. Okay. Um, It's called American Election, I think, and it's on Itch. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, I don't even know if that would count, though. It's more of, like, a story. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Uh, romantic comedies? Oh, yeah. Pretty few and far between. Even something like Florence, not really a comedy, uh, you know? It's coming to Switch and PS4. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. I think on PC, too. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, like, like I kind of... Like horror comedies, almost? Like, mm. like a... Like, a, like a, Shaun of the Dead. Like Shaun of the Dead Usually or something like, like Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Which, yeah. that might... I know there's, like, comedy, comedic zombie games, yeah. but, like... Shaun of the Dead, which was the example that I was thinking of, like, toes, you know, goes in that middle line so well where there are genuinely scary moments. Well, there are, like, like Ghostbusters. I mean, you know, like, Dead Rising, exactly what you're talking about? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess I never find it scary, though, but I, I suppose that's close. Right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. kind of what they're going for, where it is, like, moments of intensity, but then you're, like, dressed as a clown or whatever. Right. So, yeah. God, I'm, the romantic comedy thing is killing me. I mean, I think of Grim Fandango? There's, um, I mean, some dating sims could possibly fall into yeah. that. Yeah. So, like, Dream Daddy. Right. Probably. Yeah, right. It's, like, very rom-com-esque, You're right. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Eric Seal says, as kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? How much work would you need to put in to make, your, to make that your career path today? <laughs> <laughs> in sixth grade, I wanted to be a, quote, Star Wars idea giver. <laughs> but with how big the franchise is now, it'd be at my depth. No, never give up. You can still be a Star Wars idea giver. I mean, it's not that. The, the sort of expansion of that universe actually makes it uh, more possibility. Maybe you could, you know, write a comic yeah. or work on a game. Yeah, or, or get you know? to a Disney Plus show. Yeah. Wow, but he, he specifically wants to be a Star Wars idea giver. Oh, he just, just wants yeah. to. Like, he just wants to be like, you should do an Obi Wan show. Yeah. And then call right. it. Right. 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 Sounds like well, a great I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If he has a Twitter account, then he can do that. That's right. You should remake The Last Jedi. Whether people will <laughs> listen. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be. Uh, we're all dumb as kids, right? Um, I wanted to be a crayon maker. I remember that was my first thing, because I think I watched, like, I love drawing and coloring, and I watched the Mr. Rogers episode where they said, like, here's how you make crayons. I was like, that's, that's you my You could go to the mall now and make that a reality. Excuse me? The Crayola experience. You, what? Yeah. I can make crayons? Yeah. What is the experience like? You make crayons. Would you, like, melt down wax? What is this? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Oh, weird. All right. I got to do it. Go do it. Uh, my other one was when I got a little bit older, which I don't think made sense because I was a pretty shy kid, but I was like, I would love to be on Mad TV. <laughs> like, forget SNL. I didn't, even, I didn't even watch SNL. Yeah, but I was like, oh, man. Be up on the... On the big stage with the bright lights with Will Sasso. Wait, so, um, 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 more Mad TV than SNL? Oh, 1,000 times yes. I can't defend it, but as a kid, yeah, uh, I would watch Mad TV and not really watch it. Really SNL. to see um, the woman that played Fear in Star Wars? Yes. Or, yeah. yeah, what's her name? I can't remember. Yeah. She's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forget. But yeah, but There's I mean, no obviously, one, unfortunately. very excited to Lamar when he was in Metal Gear Solid 2. And fan. literally everything else. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to be an animator up until, like, middle school. Middle school, really? Yeah, which is funny because I was never a great artist. My brother's a great artist, but I was never great at drawing. But, like, I loved watching, like, Disney animators work. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. But I, 
Yeah, it was like around seventh, eighth grade that I was like, oh, wait, I don't really like drawing that much. Like, I don't think it was going to work. Brother, can you smuggle me some drawings (laughs) and I guess I'll animate them? I think you just wanted to watch more animated films. Yeah, wait, hold on. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. It's completely different. Jeff, I wanted to be a pratfall comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Dream's still alive in there. Anna, anything? Um, I wanted to be like a one of the trainers at SeaWorld because I grew up in South Florida. Ooh, okay. And so, you know, now, you know, we can't really defend them. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a cool, that's yeah. like an occupation yeah. that's been canceled. Well, well <laughs> like the dolphin well, guys and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't any killer whales left at SeaWorld, okay, okay. and I think SeaWorld's phasing out that entire program. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 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 Just to reconnect everything in this episode, I saw my first dolphin show a couple years ago. What did you think? I was crying. Like, it <laughs> Were genuinely... you in the splash zone? Oh, that's what it was. I put others in the splash zone because <laughs> of my tears. No, but, like, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, those trainers were so good. And then what kills me is they literally blasted the hook soundtrack, oh, which I such a song for my heart. While he's like the Donkey Kong Country too, soundtrack, <laughs> I the difference. Yeah, while these dolphins are jumping around doing these cool things, and the yeah. trainers are like the coolest people I've ever seen in my life. This is beautiful. You told a story once about going on a helicopter tour and then playing the Jurassic Park theme. Yes, that was that. Yeah, that's all, that's what it takes for you. Get some Spielberg music in there. It's true. Yeah, I went on a vacation with my rich friend and his family in ninth grade, and I don't even think. I don't even know this was a thing, but somehow we got in a helicopter that went on a tour of the Grand Canyon. And so, like, being in a helicopter, flying to the Grand Canyon, and we have headphones on, and they blast the Jurassic Park soundtrack. I was like, that's a good limit. I tried to jump out of the helicopter because I thought, I can't get better than me. <laughs> but life found a way, and you're still like, right. Because of dolphins and the soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Lopez says, have you ever made a suggestion or comment during a game preview that the developers acknowledged was a good idea and later put it into the game? Do you, do you know of any stories like this happening? I think it happens a decent amount. It's mm. tough to know what's actually a good idea mm. versus just trying to kiss press ass a little bit and have like a wink and a nod to something that somebody from the press would recommend. But kind of start with that thing of like, okay, the press sees a game, they see it for 30 minutes and say, oh, have you ever thought about doing this? And the developer says, oh, good idea. I think all you know, the developers have been busting their ass for yeah. three years. <laughs> like they probably oh, thought thanks. of that. Yeah, great idea. Point, right? Um. Yeah, I think of, like, on the Saints Row 3 cover story trip back in the day, um, they said that they had an idea for a weapon that they cut, which was the fart in a jar. And, like, it just didn't make sense because, like, a jar, you can't see the fart. So, like, how is that even a grenade type of making sense? And then, yeah, Dan Riker in particular. Made his ignition. Yeah, like, you guys got to put that back in the game. And then it's in the game. They did it. But then there was also on that trip, that was a weird one because I remember – there, we during the demo, they're showing us this new animation of how you can just run up and punch anybody in the game in the nuts. There's like a set animation for that, and it really tickled us, as you can imagine. And so at some point, it was discussed, and it was like, I think I said something along the lines of like, "That's all you need to show about the game is just like show a second of someone getting punched in the nuts. It's like a random NPC on the street, and that'll sell the game." Um, and then they started joking around. This is THQ back in the day, you know, they're like, "Oh, we should make a trailer. It's just that." Like, as a joke. Yeah. And, you know, it's confusing. I 
I don't think it was 100% me, but like it was definitely at this table. Like, no, seriously, you need to do this. You need to release that trailer. And so that was the reveal trailer for Saints Row 3. I remember it. It was like the big build up, build up, and then just like the quick nut punch and moving on. Yeah, it was funny. It was a classic uh, era. Remember we, when we went to do the History of Pokemon feature, you suggested they make a Pokemon game that had was more open. And had an open area that you could explore. That's true. You take credit. Play Breath of the Wild more, you idiots. We also said they should release on Switch, I think. Or has it been announced at that point? They said they were making the game on Switch. Nick, there's also been something that you recommended to a developer at some point. There... I mean, it wasn't an improvement, but when I was at, uh, when we went to Gearbox, I, I guess there was a random conversation where I was saying how much I hate people who spell Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, and then in a later preview for Battleborn, because I think we were there for Battleborn, yeah. but the producer said, hey, we added an enemy boss who's... It was a spider, but his name was Jeff, spelled the stupid way. Sure. Is that flattering or pandering? It was. Oh, that was totally pandering. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did but, you enjoy it? Did you like it? Well, I wish I had enjoyed the game. <laughs> so that okay. kind of brought it down. Yeah. If, if it was a game that I super liked, I guess I would have been like, hey, I remember that. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I still do remember it. So yeah, it works. It worked. Nick DeFeo is wondering if we share birthdays with any celebrities. Uh, Nick DeFeo says, I'm both blessed and cursed to have the same birthday as Bungie Day. Interesting. I didn't know this because my birthday is April 15th, which is no good. It's like, I think when Lincoln was assassinated and the Titanic sank, it's just like a, a downer day. But apparently birthday-wise, I share my birthday with Emma Watson and Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. And I don't know who a greater genius is. It's really making that. So you were born the day Lincoln was assassinated. Yeah, I crawled that's, out of the That's cell. what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. And I was born the that's day origin that JFK was assassinated. Yeah. Just another coincidence. Freak out! Oh. Do you guys have any special birthdays? Uh, mine's Festivus, as established by Seinfeld. What is that day? December 23rd. Is it 23rd? Okay. That's just for the rest of us. That's nice. Uh, Annette was born on September 11th, which was... Uh, Susan Gonzalez? Which, yeah. Which ruins that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, ruins 9-11 for you? Yeah, let's get ruined. Anyway. No, ruins your birthday. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, Joe Halaska says, what is your cutoff for nostalgia? I was playing Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and realized that Dragon Ball Z, which I watched in 7th and 8th grade through early high, high school is the last thing I consider nostalgic for me. Is that roughly the same time period stuff was cut off for you in terms of nostalgia? The 7th mm-hmm. and 8th grade? Oh, uh, no. I think when we saw this last week's episode, I'm nostalgic over, like, 2013. Like, the were yeah. on the PS4, but yeah. I don't know. Do you have a cutoff? Is it 7th, 8th grade, later? Um, I mean, more and more. It, sometimes it can depend on the media. Like, I'm especially nostalgic for music. Um, so... I don't know, with games, I mean, I could probably be nostalgic for Wind Waker, maybe. Yeah. But even that's, I was pretty young when I played that. Yeah, for sure. It was like 2003 yeah. when it came out, so yeah. I mean, it was eight? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I didn't do that, man. Nostalgia to me is just like a memory of like a specific period of your life. So like music from high school, you know, elicits certain emotions. I mean, even playing games that like... Playing Portal 2 is, like, nostalgic for me because I have a lot of great memories of playing Portal 2, you mm-hmm. know? So I don't, I don't think there is a cutoff, really. Yeah. I think the further you get away from it, like, everything becomes nostalgic again at some yeah. point. You know? Yeah. But well, there has to be a cutoff. I mean, you're not nostalgic over things from two years ago, right? Um, 
I suppose not. No, maybe. but he will be in 10 more years. Okay. In, so there is a window. Yeah, in, in, like, guess, in yeah. 10 years, you're going to do something, and you'll be like, oh, we did this at Game Informer, and mm-hmm. you're going to get all yeah. worried about it. Yeah. I'm even thinking, like, two years. Like, I, I when did Into the Spider-Verse come out? 2018? Like, that's one that's, like, yeah, like I, like, I adored know. that movie. And even, like, now, even, like, a few years separated from it, like, I see it on Netflix, and I'll start it up, and be like, oh, this is so good. I think you it's know not I mean? last but, year. But I don't know if that's... Did it really? Yeah, yeah, really last year? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, is that just a... Is that nostalgia? Is that just, like, I just... Really like, 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 yeah, 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 like, yeah. We're all going to be nostalgic about Baby Yoda. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing is there are a lot of people my age nostalgic about the 80s, which we never lived through because right. of Stranger Things. And I, I I don't know how that works, yeah, but it's yeah. definitely there. Like, yeah, it's just that soundtrack. They're nostalgic, the for, of that. They're nostalgic for when they watch Stranger Things in their youth. Like, that's the well, idea? I guess it's kind of like us watching um, Happy Days, sort of, right? Like, yeah. I didn't live through the 50s, but it's kind of... Yeah, is that nostalgic? Yeah, or is that just like know. just it's, like looking back at a different time period? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of nostalgia, Ian T. Clark says, Hello, my retro game-loving cohort. Yes. Back when I was a young lad, there were no shortages of NES games based on a movie or television license. Many of these games were very bad, but they were all that was available at the local rental store, so you had to play them anyway. And dog darn it, they were... Dog darn it? (laughs) And dog darn it, you were grateful, Ian says. One of the better games that come to mind for me is Willow. The game based on the 1988 high fantasy movie directed by Ron Howard, starring Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer. Capcom developed the game, and it was a straight-up Legend of Zelda clone. Sadly, I never beat the game because it was too hard, and I couldn't afford those 900 call-in tip lines. Hmm. Did any of you play Willow as a kid? Jeff, you're old like me. Surely you at least saw the movie. I saw the movie, for sure. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I love Willow. Willow was one of my favorite movies growing up, even though it was terrifying. It's when that dragon at the end is, is too much. You ever seen Willow? Sounds familiar. I think it might have been there's like a group of movies that my parents forced me to watch as a kid, like specific sci-fi and hero stuff. Yeah. Um, And it might have been fun. Willow's in that batch? That's fun. I don't know. I think it's on Disney Plus now. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it for the first time like a year ago. I'd never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because I also watched it a year ago because it was bizarre, but I was dating this person and they were like, oh, I played the... I guess we had an NES back in the house, but I only really played Willow. Like, it's the only NES game that I had. I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know there was a Willow video game, but then we went back and watched that movie again, too. It was so weird watching that movie, speaking of nostalgia. It's like, oh, my God, I forgot about so many things. I forgot about the, the character Sorsha. It's like, I was so into her as a kid. I completely forgot about what a badass she is. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, that Willow game, by the way, like, we played it on an episode of Replay, Game Forward. Oh, yeah. It was kind of on a whim, like, expecting crap. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, if you go back and watch that episode, it's very much of us being like, this is really cool. Like, this is <laughs> impressive. You yeah. Know? Also, they made an arcade game, and that game is also not bad. Okay. Yeah. You know, actually, on my, our, like, sort of bonus list of, like, games I played a lot for Super Nintendo that I have nostalgia for, one on, that was on my list was, um, that wouldn't have made my top five, but it is Aladdin for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, solid Capcom platformer. Yeah, for sure. Also on Sega Genesis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so yeah. two very different versions. Okay. The Genesis yeah. one I, has, like, the amazing animation. Yeah, because yeah. I played it on the Genesis, like, yeah. last year. Oh, wow, yeah. So it looks great, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Super Nintendo version, I mean, I, don't, it's, I think maybe is like, a little bit cleaner of a platformer. 
Like, it's like, it's a Capcom platformer, so I think jumping is a little more fun, but, like, you can't deny that the Genesis version just looks so much better. It looks like the film. Yeah. Uh, Canadian says, during the holidays, my good friends did a thing where one person leaves, then those remaining in the room have to discuss and decide the best attribute of that person. Once deliberations are over, the subject tries to guess what the group decided. Then the group reveals their answer. What are the best attributes of the Min-Max crew? Sorry, Anna, I know this is tough for you again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeff, um, do you want to leave the room, and we're going to talk about your best attributes, oh, and then you're going to try and guess. And no jokes. You can't say Pratt Falls. You can't say your, your stunning good looks. All right. Okay, great. Okay, you guys are going to figure out. I got I think I know where I want to humor. Should I whisper more? So, um, good whisper. I just met him. Yeah, what do you think it is? What's you're getting a fresh take on Jeff on sensibilities. Or what, live reaction? <laughs> <laughs> Min Max so reacts. Um, Min Max reacts to Jeff. Those are some of the videos that do some of the best. No, yeah, that's right. Right. Um, um, you know what? What? Oh, do you have No, nothing? no, no. Okay. Please relieve me. I was thinking, like, uh, he's a straight shooter. He's got a level head. You yeah. know? Yeah. I like can he, do that. He calls them like he sees them. No drama. Yeah. So what's the, what's that attribute called? Straight shooting? <laughs> straight shooting. Straight shooting. You got it. It's straight shooting. <laughs> All right, Jeff, um, you want to come back in? Oh, he left. <laughs> he's gone. He's getting bubbly water. I think he's making his own bubbly water. Should I text him? I will wait for him to come back. Oh, hang on. Jeff is back. Jeff is back. Jeff is back. Oh, he's back. He made it. All right. He's been thinking for a long time about exactly what his best attribute is. And we have our answer, but we want you, you to give yours first. You're, he'll probably get it. <laughs> it is. I sleep right at the pee, which is why. Yeah, we know. We figured it out. Your best attribute oh, okay. is your bladder. Uh, my sense of humor. We're actually we're not too crazy about that. No. Fair enough. <laughs> you could do better. <laughs> we're going with straight shooter, straight shooting. Okay. okay. No drama. Honesty. Uh, I guess that's what it is. Just a good, solid perspective on anything. If you say something is a certain way, I trust that it is it's that way. <laughs> Unless it's a joke. <laughs> Unless you insist that your joke is funny. Yeah. In that case, it is not. Uh, Sean Mills says. Wait, wait. wait. Should we go in for cereal and let it get back? Oh, yeah. Okay. Anna, what do you think of cereal? You play board games with them for a little bit. good at, um, what was the game called? Concept. Concept. Yeah, all right. We got it. There we go. There it is. No, I don't remember. I mean, little sweetie. Sweetheart. Yeah, sweetheart. Right, number one? Yeah. Unless he's listening in that case. He's an SOB. Oh, wait, yeah, I forgot. He's going to probably listen it's to this. Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, Sean Mills says, if you could put any character from Chrono Trigger to Smash Brothers, who would you put in, and what would their moves be? Frog. Hmm. Frog. Yeah. So you got X-Strike in there, so you can have, like, a Chrono cameo. He's got the most unique, like, move set. Because you're sort of instinct is like, oh, Chrono, but it's like, he's just not a sword guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's thing you need. Although, Lerp. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. You could grab him with your tongue. He could be yeah. a, a, a shadow character for Yoshi. Are there any freak choices like Gato from the beginning, like the singing robot thing? The king, Lean, uh, Marl's dad. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh my god. god. Just one of the, I mean, not to spoil anything, but some of the end bosses get crazy. Just like one of the oh, craziest okay. like, end boss form. Just yeah. Lavos and <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Lavos is weird forms. <laughs> 
Uh, Evan McHugh uh, says, hey, do y'all listen to the Game Informer show still? What do you think of Andy as the host? I love this question. This is very simple. Um, yes, I do actually listen to it every week. I was thinking that I wouldn't. I was thinking, like, ah, I think I'm going to be too close to it, just like the same way that I'd be hesitant to listen every time I go on vacation at Game Informer. It's like, I don't want to listen to another host. It's going to feel so unnatural. But it turns out I like listening to it then, and I like listening to it now. So, yeah, I listen to it right away, right when it comes out. And I think Andy's a fun host. I think he's... He's grown a lot. He's not quite as self-deprecating. Still a little bit. Mm. Uh, but he doesn't do as much. Like, I am. Just throw so long. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Again, he still does it a little bit. <laughs> he, can't but, uh, he can't fully leave it behind. Yeah, I'm less emotional about it than I was expecting, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. And judging from your silence? Well, I, that... <laughs> I was eager to listen to Andy Host, but I, I, yeah. I did find it surprisingly hard. Oh, really? Like, not not because of anyone, of Andy's fault right, or anything. Right, right. It's, just, it's hard to be so involved in it. Like, I like where you were like, oh, I, I am going to be too close to it. Like, yeah. you thought, like you're not. I thought I wasn't going to be, and then found that I was. Right. Um, so I, I, I check in periodically, but it's not like a, a regular thing. Yeah, so. sure. Um, let's see. Phil S. says, what is the last couch co-op game you finished? With someone. No online co-op, and you have to have reached the end credits. For me, it was Man of Medan. Oh. Uh, I think yeah, probably I a, that would be mine, too. <laughs> I play a lot of games with friends, but, like, even co-op stuff. Like, we played your Perfect Dark Nights a long ago and stuff, but, like, I think A Way Out, that was just 2018, right? So, yeah, probably A Way Out for, like, all the way through a co-op game. Well, because, yeah, I, I was going to say Portal 2. With my wife, mm. that was like a big deal. Like we really got the last camp. one you played. Well, so I thought, but then, but then we play so many things just together, but that aren't really co-op. Like right. we're playing through Life is Strange right now. We played through yeah. uh, After Party and Man of Medan, but we didn't both have a controller. In our right. Hand. So right. Like, is that is that? But if you mean we both had a controller in our hand and we yeah. were both working together, probably Portal Two. I played through Pikachu with. Um, my boyfriend. Oh, oh yeah. Which one? Yeah. Which one was that again? I don't remember like, but... Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's kind of like a weird physics platforming game, and it just has all these neat little... Um, big, barriers. giant legs? Yep, okay. yeah. It's very clumsy and awkward. It's a, it's a funny game. Okay. Um, and it just plays on, like, these big, squiggly, goofy characters, and it's pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, mine was Unravel 2. Oh, I I ended up liking that a lot more than I probably should have because it was, <laughs> you pretty, your it was pretty straightforward as a to like as, much as, as a like, platformer. You know? You know? Yeah. like it didn't do that much that was different, but the I guess the co-op changes it a lot. But it, my wife doesn't play a lot of video games, and we don't play a lot of video games together. And mm-hmm. it was, they add enough like helping, you know, like aids where. You, you, she di- she didn't have to go through all the hard ones. You just kind of like jump on the other person's back, and it was yeah, yeah. very cute and fun time together. Sweet. Uh, Johnny C says, "Hey fellas, I have two comments and a question. First, the mouse game Kyle was thinking of on the PlayStation 4 launch is called Tiny Brain. That's right. Yes. From what I remember, it's not great. Did somebody else also, tweet, tweet that at you? No, or? I figured I I went down the Google rabbit hole and figured it out afterwards. And uh, it was really unsatisfying because it was not a lot of brain. So don't go back and play that one. No matter how much you want to. Please look forward to the next deepest dive on Tiny Brain. <laughs> uh, Taylor Owens says, will Star Citizen release this console generation? No. I think you can I cut off yes. this console generation off that. But they've been so, I mean, maybe it's just, <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> maybe still know. Don't yeah. you think that would be a cool move? I know you're kind of attaching yourself to something a little sketchy, but... 
for Sony or Microsoft for their big like software unveiling for next gen to be like, and we have Star Citizen on the console. I could see one of them I, going for I, that. I just don't think it can be a pillar of marketing. I think it would be cool to like just like I don't think it would be part of marketing the new consoles, but it would be like it would be on the Star Citizen devs to announce that it's coming to PS4 or, or Xbox or whatever. Like Star and Microsoft aren't going to grab onto that because it's, of that. it's too. It's just fable. It's just like an un. Knowable, like it's yeah. just like who, what is that game at this point? Well, there's you know? a single player campaign with every celebrity known to man in it. They recorded yeah. Mark Hamill's bit back in 2015 or whatever the hell. Um, Arthur says, "All aboard!" Hello, Conductor Ben and the Minmax crew. Thank you, Arthur. I love. <laughs> Sorry, the internet's funny. Arthur, I love when trains are in my game. <laughs> They're a unique and dynamic setting. With a clear structure that keeps you moving forward and they can turn what is technically a long corridor into a memorable experience. If I see a train in my game, <laughs> if I see a train in my game, I know that the next station will be good times. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, what are your favorite trains in games? Okay, so I have a really strong feeling about this. Okay. Uh, oh. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Okay. And both my favorite and my least favorite train are in that game. Is it, are there multiple trains? Or yeah, there's, the there's like this ghost train that's like purple and it chomps the tracks and it chases you. Okay. And it's so it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, like a, it's like almost like a Pac-Man. Yeah, right? it really kind of, stresses yeah. you out. It's constantly looming. Oh my God. Yeah. It made, I mean, it made for a really engrossing gameplay experience, but also it was terrifying. And then the, the good train is just like the main train. Yeah, it's just like the main train. Like you can yeah. pull, when you're commuting, you can pull the, um, the whistle. Li- yeah, you can send the whistle off and, like, there's nothing better than riding a train across Hyrule and going to... to what are you riding a horse across Hyrule? <laughs> <laughs> might be a little more fun, okay. I, I, I will, honestly, I will go to bat for this. Really? Spirit Tracks? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, okay. So much better than Phantom Hourglass. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. The, uh, I, I love the whistle, and I always mm-hmm. love timing it with the overworld theme, because like, Spirit Tracks, Spirit yeah. about the game, the overworld theme, one of the best Zelda songs yeah. ever written. Uh, yeah, I like that. It's a yeah. unique Zelda game, but a good, it, it, there's still a lot to like about that. Oh, for sure. But then I was I would always time the whistle. It's like and I go woo woo. And I have this whole rhythm time. So every time I hear that part of the song, I do that stupid whistle. You're in the middle of combat. You're like, oh, I'm going Yeah, it is good. It is a good video game concept. I guess that's a good point. Like it's very clear level design. Keep moving up. Like Sunset Riders has a great train. Yeah. The Toy Story 3 video game has a great train. Obviously. Yeah, the Empire. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. It started as a train game before it shifted into a Star Wars game. Oh, really? Yes. It's going to be like a Western kind of deal. Hmm. Uncharted. Uncharted 2 mm-hmm. is a good example. More recently, though, doesn't get enough love because it's spoiler-ish, but there's a train at the end of Lost Legacy, which they basically go for that same trick again, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Because I remember talking to Naughty Dog when... I visited them for three different cover stories. Um, they would always talk about like their favorite thing that they've done. A lot of them would say uh, the train level from Uncharted 2. Remember, like Josh Harris, specifically the writer, decided to put it at the front of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The in media res kind of like, well, we got to go. We got to show this. Well, up. yeah. Well, that was like the train falling is where yeah. it starts and stuff. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. They're like, oh, we love this so much, we just did it again for Lost Legacy at the yeah. end there. But still, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. There's a cool train boss in Star Fox 64. Oh, yeah, there we go. Red Dead 2. I actually got to the train part. Oh, nice. Were you... Are you playing it? No. Oh. That was before. 
Uh, but there's a duel on top of the on top of the train. Jeff, I'm going to New Orleans has me craving Red Dead 2 so badly. Again, I just want to walk through that town. So I want you to come over here so that I can play Red Dead 2 with you. The narrative I did get to that is, is yeah. Jeff says Red Dead Redemption 2 is like one of his favorite games of all time. Well, I didn't put it on the list because of that. Because, no. Yeah. Yeah, he has finished it, and yeah. we like to give crap for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but how, many, like, how many hours have you played? Uh, I Probably like 40, but yeah, I, yeah, I just didn't yeah. do the you know. Seems like fair enough. Story. You can weigh in and say it's great, but you need to take it that as you can say that it's great, you also need to take crap also, like, from us. Mm-hmm. Saying that you don't know you. the whole side. I know. I, better. I know. Yeah, it gets I know. Better and better. I got go back to it. You will never do it. Pretty gonna, I got to make time. We, we should just do it as a deepest dive. No, because we already all played it, Jeffum. Yeah. Like, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> we can replay games. You played Chrono Trigger. What are you talking about? 20 years ago. All right. In 20 years. <laughs> I'll finish it. All right. Thomas Hoster says, hey, Min Max, I thought of a game for you. What is the jump button on these random games? What is the jump button on Grand Theft Auto 4 for the 360? Uh, circle or B? Oh, wait, wait, 360? Yes. Okay, yeah. B. It is B, correct. Oh, yeah. What is the jump button for Breath of the Wild on the Nintendo Switch? The um, northern button. Which is? Y. Uh, X. X. Yeah. It is X, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Halo, Combat Evolved on the Xbox. Nice. There we go. Dragon Ball Fighters for PS4. Up on the D-pad? Correct. Up on the D-pad. <laughs> Skyrim for the Xbox One. Why? Yes! Hey! go. Pretty good, everybody. Wow. Uh, bonus question, Arma 3 on the PC. Space bar? <laughs> Trick question, no jump button, oh. just a step over button. <laughs> step Fair over enough. button? What is that? Uh, thank you, Thomas. Good game, good game. Uh, hey, I haven't said this in a while. What do y'all like for question of the week? Oh, I need oh question my of the week. I forgot about this. Yeah. Um, can you read them all again? <laughs> uh, now I, I remember why I got away from it. I know. It's I been like, a while. I like the uh, going dark, depression and anxiety question. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the hardest these people have made you laugh. I like uh, overlooking that are lost through time. And I like making Jeff on leave the room. But I'm like wide open. Can, what was like the, there was a, like the second or third question I remember liking. When I still had remembered in my head that we were going to... This is not helpful. No? Okay, never mind then. We'll get better about this, I promise. Uh, was it, why is Warcraft 3 refarted being a stale card? <laughs> uh, was not I that one, though. I did like that one. <laughs> um, what do you like? Jefflin? Uh, I, I like Lost Game. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah? Yeah. Anna, do you have thoughts on this? I mean, I'm I'm late to the train on this one. Oh, Lord. I, I oh, like the train one. I like the train one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and the quiz was fun, too. Yeah, quiz is always fun. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard, hard to give it to, like, yeah. a, a quiz or a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like in terms of making the show better. That's what we're looking for, right? I do like the idea of making Jeff and leave the room. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So mean. Uh, you're a jackass. Yeah, that's right. No, but it's also a positive thing, right? It's got it all. Yeah. It's dynamic. 
All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Can we live with it? All right, Canadian, congratulations. Congrats. The first winner of the Woo-hoo. I Am 8-Bit question of the week. You are 8-Bit. Yeah. Even though you have a number numerical one in your name. That is true. So I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship that out to you. That is the Mega Man X cartridge. Uh, what a sweet gift. And be sure to thank I'm 8-Bit on social media. Everybody, it's so sweet that they're supporting mm-hmm. Max in this way. Yeah. And that they're bringing back question of the week and actually shipping out these items, including, for the first time ever, even if you're overseas. All right. Which... They seem cool with, and so I am very happy to say we will ship around the world. I am Apit will ship around the world <laughs> if it happens to land that way. But thank you so much, Canadian. I'll reach out and get uh, your contact info for all that fun stuff. Um, and now, I think it's time for Get a Load of This. I'm not going to do the jingle that I didn't know was in there. All right. Uh, Anna, we won't make you go first. Okay. But, Jeff, uh, for Get a Load of This, what do you got this week? Hey, get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, you know how last week we looked at what everyone, what every state's yeah. least favorite state was? Yes. Well, it turns out that that guy, Matt Shirley, also did a map of every state's favorite other state. So it's which state okay. each state likes the most. Yes. Based on the 300,000 people or whatever he polled unscientifically. Yeah. Uh, but this one... Kind of interesting. Some of them flip. So, so some of them are the favorite and least favorite and most hated oh, list. Okay, okay. But uh, highlights include California and Alaska both love Hawaii for some reason. As does as uh, Hawaii though likes Nevada the most. Uh, All right. <laughs> everyone around Florida. Seems to also like Florida for some reason. Oh, weird! Florida, 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 Florida. Does that, does that <laughs> hold up? Does yeah, that, okay. that, yeah. Uh, Florida likes North Carolina the most, though. Epic's there. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The problem is they don't list the states. Like I, I have to go by outline yeah, of the yeah. state. Everyone around Colorado likes Colorado. Wait, is that right? No. Everyone around the Utah likes Utah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But the reason I brought this up, and it's very shameless, is North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin all like Minnesota the best. Yeah. No one, no one particularly likes any of those states in return. <laughs> but Minnesota, the state that Minnesota likes the most is Canada. Yeah. <laughs> we all just said what? states. Screw states. We're we're going north, which is why it's time for Minnesota to secede from the United States of America <laughs> and, this and is join the Canada. Goal of yeah. to start the revolution uh, to get us over there to Canada. Get over that. <laughs> Love it. Anna, did you have one? Um. So. <laughs> Are you scrolling through Twitter? Yeah, I, 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 we can, we can, you can, you know, it's like ordering at a restaurant. Like you can go last if, if you yes. want, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, but mine's very quick, so hurry up. Uh, okay. So this is a tweet from uh, someone named uh, Joe Glass at Joseph Glass, and it just, as a fan of animated films and watching a lot of animated films, I just thought it was really weird, and I hadn't noticed this. Uh, Tom Holland, the actor that plays Spider-Man, uh, he plays a character in the Spies in Disguise movie with Will Smith, and he also plays a character in the upcoming uh, Pixar movie. Um, gosh, what is that movie called? You know what I'm talking about, Hanson, right? Um, Onward. Onward. And so he plays characters in both of those movies, and they look basically identical. They look exactly the same. 
It's like the weird big nose, but it doesn't look like Tom Holland necessarily. No, that's like the weird angle of it. It's like it doesn't mm. really look like Tom Holland, but his character that they created, which I'm assuming they designed before they cast him, yeah. looks basically identical. And uh, not flattering either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, that's not great. That's a weird thing. Get a load of that. I will get a load of that. That's nice. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, when I was in New Orleans, uh, I went to the World War II Museum that they have down there. It's like the world's best World War II Museum, and it is incredible. My favorite thing is they have like a separate building where they just pack it full of planes. So it's like this huge hangar. It's like, all right, we just got a huge bomber up top. We got sweet P-51 Mustang flying over here. It's just sweet to look at. Um, but they had a whole area focused just on D-Day, which was fascinating, obviously. And, um, and there's one section that I don't think I really knew too much about, but the fact that they were putting and trying to seed so many other options and, like, use intelligence to try and trick the Germans into thinking that everybody was going to be landing on a different beach, like the most obvious connection here, all this stuff like that. But then they were so crafty. Not only were they, like, seeding false information out there about where they were going to land for the beachhead, but then also because they would go to the point and land in England that was the closest to that alternate beachhead, and they would build up, like, fake bases there as if that was the base where everything was rallying to then cross the channel. Hmm. So it basically, they hired, like, Hollywood producers and people from the film industry to make fake towns, kind of like blazing saddles, to make it look from the sky, at least, that this was, like, a full operation, including inflatable trucks, like, full Metal Gear Solid 5. Where are they now? now? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if they still exist. But they have pictures of these inflatable trucks that they would just inflate and then put it on the base so that German planes and spies would think, ah, this is actually was a full operation here. Was that literally a Metal Gear thing? Uh, well, there's like inflatable snakes inside. Yeah. But I forget if you could do a truck. Because I was like, that, I would just believe that that was just made up Kojima nonsense. Like if that was like if Snake could throw down an inflatable truck in Metal Gear Solid 5, but it's like, oh, I guess there's so much more relevance to that. That's weird. For being real tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good I got a little that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Anna? All right. Uh, get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, this is actually something I just remembered, so I didn't yeah. even find it. We were scrolling through Twitter. Perfect. Um, so on TikTok, there, uh, the Mario Kart app is, like, seeing a huge resurgence. And so I spent, like, 30 minutes watching, like, Mario Kart mobile tutorials and, like, content on TikTok. What? Why? Yeah. Okay, so the Mario Kart game, mm-hmm. like, TikTok is all of a sudden, like, obsessed with it now? Yeah, so it's been, like, a, a slow burn, um, but I have been seeing, like, a lot of, um, like, tutorial videos, um, but then also just, like, comedy videos. Um, it's really, the game is kind of wonky, and so they also make jokes about that that yeah. are really popular, and it's all just, like, yeah, it's, like, blowing up. What a weird... Hmm. Yeah. Thing to get a research. Yeah. 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 I played that game a lot because I reviewed it. Uh, uh, yeah. I have a question. Uh, I I know I should know this, but I don't really understand what TikTok is. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it, it's I see yeah. ads for it, and yeah. it's just some looping thing of somebody yeah. making silly sounds. Yeah. So okay. I mean, you know what? Do you know what Vine is? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Do you know what Vine right. is? Yeah, that's where I download my memes, yeah. I got it. Oh, there's like hundreds of Red Bull yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where he goes. Yeah. <laughs> on the place with some memes. Um, yeah, so, okay. So, basically, it's based on sounds. And it used to be called Musical.ly, where people would um, 
like do they would lip sync to popular songs, but then it got rebranded as TikTok, and it goes viral based on sound. So like they're popular sounds. So like one of a lot of Nintendo games are really popular on TikTok because they have ridiculous sounds in them that kids then riff off of. You know, sort of do like acting to it. So Wait, it goes um, viral based on sounds. I don't know what that means. Well, so I mean, it's it's basically like Vine, except there's a more emphasis on sounds. Okay. So yeah, you can like integrate your own song, like mm-hmm. it's built into the app. Like I want to use this song and mm-hmm. the sound effect and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can edit videos in the app and add popular sounds to your video. Um, so let's see here. Like it's also a lot of old songs are coming back because of it. Because like kids will make jokes about it, okay, yeah, using it. So would I enjoy it if I downloaded TikTok and? Um, let me send you. Let me send you like a curated list of TikToks. Okay. Because you have to like sift through a lot of stuff sometimes, and the algorithm is kind of scary good. Um, so if you if you use it enough, it'll kind of like get trained and yeah. I'll know what you like. And you'll know like. that I'm obsessed with Mario Kart. Tour. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you follow like three Mario Kart accounts, you'll get like a ton of Mario okay. Kart. Oh good. Uh, yeah. So, do you do you use Byte at all? Because like no. I, was, I was like, because that is the the genuine official successor to Vine. Okay. And it's like they don't they do weird things. Oh, like, it just launched. Yeah. Didn't it? Like yeah. They, they you yeah. you don't you can't see your follower count. Yeah. And stuff like that, which I think Ooh, is that's really, really interesting. Cool. And I really I enjoy yeah. Vine a lot. Yeah. So like I'm excited for Byte. But I I I thought maybe TikTok would fill that Vine void yeah. in my life, but it's like it's it's I don't know. It's not it's not the same. It's yeah. Different. You know weird. there are multiple periods where I downloaded TikTok and then like pretty much immediately deleted it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I don't know, just one time like you can watch the lip well. sync lip syncing to it, hey look Mama and yeah. it like so much. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty good. <laughs> and thank you for being our youth correspondent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we all know what TikTok is. People are gonna be like what? TikTok to your kids. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, that's an episode of the Mimic Show. Anna, thank you for joining us. No, thanks no, for thank having you. me. Thank you. You're welcome back at any point. Um, do you have a Twitter handle you want to yeah, plug? Um, Anna likes Pikachu. Right, it's nice, and it's Anna with one N. Oh. Ooh. No, we actually don't really approve of that. You're not familiar with the concept of just yeah. one N. Uh, that's very sweet. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, Glitch-wise or anything? Nope. Yeah. I mean, just if you follow me on Twitter, you'll keep up to date. Uh, I'm really excited for what we're working on. And, and if you like games, then I hope you'll be excited, too. There we go. Pretty bravo. Sounds great. Cool. Thanks for watching, and uh, thanks for watching and listening. Uh, we will be doing maybe, uh, maybe one or two bonus videos going live on YouTube this week, and then Ninfax comes up on Monday, and next week I think will be a, a big fun one as well. So thanks for watching, everybody. We're listening. Be good, have fun, let's go! Avon was the name of the town? Um, oh, this is on 300 lakes. It's like surrounded by water. Yeah, it's oh beautiful. It's beautiful. It was like such an idyllic place to grow up. Yeah. Because my parents would literally like let my brothers and I out into the woods. And mm. we during the day, we would just like set stuff on fire. And, and then at night, we'd like come home and play Smash. Yeah. Sounds like a good laugh. Yeah. Hang on. Avon can't be that great. There are three big lakes, Jeff. Um,
It's called <laughs> Lower Spunk Lake, Middle Spunk Lake, and Upper Spunk Lake. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> spunk Lake? Come <laughs> yeah, on, There's is, a lot of lakes, Hanson. Uh, yeah, it's 10,000 more. Um, you come up with 10,000 names yeah. for lakes. There's a restaurant called Chainsaw Man. Oh, that's new. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, there's also the the bar is like I think it's called the Buckhorn. It's just and it has so many taxidermied animals. Yeah, um, there it is, Buckhorn Bar. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's a T-shirt in the Buckhorn Bar hanging from the ceiling. It says, "I got a gun for my wife. Good trade, huh?" <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to your episode of the Midnight Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by J.D. Gwaltney. How did I get here? Back again. Jeffrey Baba. Hey. Oh, breath of fresh air. Thank God yeah. there's one constant voice here. That's right. Look at this. Elise Favis. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Former Game Informer editor. Uh, you went on a big old journey, and now you're at the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Moved to D.C., yeah. Are you sick of people reacting like that? But the Washington Post? <laughs> a little bit. No, it's fine. It's it's Honestly, I still have the same reaction in my own head, so. <laughs> yeah. Is it ever insulting? Like, people are like, you? The Washington Post? Good God. <laughs> no, like, at certain point, like, don't push it that far. Yeah. It's not unreasonable that a journalist would work at a cool outlet. <laughs> No, but uh, it, it, it's it's been it's been a, a big adjustment, but it's been fun. I, I love have it. a great team. And you've been killing it. You guys have been killing Thank it. Thank you. That's very sweet. Good to hear that. Yeah. Launcher is the name of the initiative. It is. We're a uh, we're a six strong six person team. So really, yeah, See, that's fun. And like that's one of my favorite things from uh, Game Informer, which is a place uh, we all work together. Um, was just that idea of like having a name like Game Informer, having a name like Washington Post. But then it's just like you feel like the underdog within that organization. Oh, right? absolutely! Yeah. It, it feels like a startup within a large corporation. So we're we're very much like we we do our own thing and feel, uh, it, it, you you feel separate from the rest of this like very big company. But you still right. have, you can like borrow and and work with like other people in, with other departments and um and, and still have like all those resources, you know, to, which is great. Like we did um. For example, like we did this really ambitious piece late, uh, recently of like the ten most influential games of the decade. Oh yeah! And the only reason we're able to do stuff like that is because we work for such a like big publication, you know. And we we have like all these different resources and people that we can, you know, pull from and um, art teams and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Because we thought like the Game Informer name was really good for reaching out to developers, and they're like, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to talk to Game Informer, but like. Coming in swinging with the Washington Post. That's been interesting, actually. Um, I feel like I've had varying reactions. Um, most of them, almost everyone is, like, very willing to talk to us. Yeah. And then sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of, like, okay, you're not, like, a gaming publication or, you know, some of them aren't always familiar with Launcher. And so they, they think... see WAPO and it's, like, I, I sense a little bit of hesitation sometimes of, right. like, okay, like, how well are you going to cover this or whatever? And they think they might be going for something hard-hitting. Like, why would the Washington, be po- Washington Post be interested in us? Is, then, is there something wrong? And then <laughs> are, they, are they afraid they're going to get watergated? There are, there are exactly. absolutely PR reps who have been like, okay, what is your focus here? And, like, how much are you like Kotaku or how aggressive are you? Or, how aggressive are you? Um, Washington Post so is known for being pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very relaxed. Right. right. <laughs> so that's been very 
different. Um, but generally, people have been really positive and really excited about yeah. working with us. And I've been, and I think the biggest, one of the biggest changes is just like how many interviews I have to do. Like I'm calling people every single day. You know, we every, every basically every piece we have, we try to have some sort of like original twist to it or yeah. interview in there because we don't want to aggregate content. So okay, so. I'm not going to call you out on whether or not you've seen it because I know it's a touchy subject, but I'm just imagining the scene from All the President's Men of just like you leaning back in your chair, <laughs> just dialing over and over again. Right? Yeah, I actually Actually, have seen it now. Hey! Oh, thank God. You would have dodged that if you wanted to. So you're sitting in your new D.C. apartment, working at the Washington Post, and then you just decide to sit back and watch all the president's men? Yeah. I Well, to be honest with you, I actually, I have seen it before, but it was a long way. It was a long time ago, and I had totally forgotten. So I was like, oh, no, I've seen this before. But, yeah, I watched yeah. it again. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, does it give you more pride working at the Post? It, it, it's, I guess. I don't know. It, it is interesting to, to watch a movie like that when you're working at the, you know, the publication. It's like not that, the same so. building, is it? No. Okay. It is, uh, we're in a new building now on K Street, um, which is, like, downtown. Yeah. Central downtown D.C. Uh, I think they moved, like, four or five years ago. But okay. it's a gorgeous building like the lobby is like marble walls and the like glossy white walls uh, like where i think i don't know like nine or ten floors or something and sure like thousand of thousand employees i listened to your interview on the 1099 podcast Mm -hmm. with uh, joseph newport former intern yep uh Boy, where do you get off saying some of that stuff? No, no. What I thought was really sweet, you talked about how when you went down for the interview, you called JV yeah. for a good pep talk right before the interview. Yeah. That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't remember that. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You were half asleep, like, hey, way to go. I the least want something. What do you want? <laughs> JV has, like, a goldfish memory. I, I, I lived with him for, like, two years, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I called him up. Uh, I was extremely... I don't think I've ever been so nervous in my whole life yeah. for that job interview. Uh, they put me up in this, like, fancy hotel just a block away from the post. And it was maybe, like, half an hour before the interview, and I was walking around downtown. And uh, I called JV up, and, and he told me, he was like, like, I know you're nervous, and if you want to call me before you head in there, like, mm-hmm. definitely you can do it. So I called him up, and he was like, hey, you got this. Like, you're going to do great, blah, blah, blah. And, it helps a lot, so. Do you think? He's not the worst, always. That's true. Gee, you got, what's your secret? How come you are nice now? <laughs> Do you feel like you have grown and grown much more kind in the last couple of years? Oh, God, yes. What do, I mean, you, you remember what it was when I started. I was kind of... I don't want to call it out. A little... little yeah, but I'm kind of an asshole. I mean, right. I don't know. Like, I just... I stopped drinking and stuff. And that How helped. connected is that? Is it just overall life change, or you think... Stopping drinking just was a good time to pause and kind of reflect on life and reassess. Like, okay, let's let's move these stats in a certain direction. <laughs> like a restat or right. yeah, re-roll. Min-max. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things. Like uh, living with Elise changed things. Uh, getting close to my partner, Audrey, changed things. Yeah. Uh, having a good support network and, stop, and stopping drinking. I think a lot of humbling experiences. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um... I've always been fascinated by your guys' friendship. Jeff, can you stay out of this? Just mm-hmm. hype down yeah. video. Um, here. But the friendship between I'm just happy being in the middle. That's like a <laughs> warm hug. <laughs> we were talking about our MinFacts a while ago about just the idea of, like, it It drives me nuts in retrospect thinking about, like, you two are such good friends, 
And, like, that's all people want is they want to hear friendships on mics. They want, you know, know. the community. And, like, I felt like a Game Informer, it never came through in a huge way. I don't know why we never leaned into that more. I feel like <laughs> we could have done, like, video content more together. And then, again, I was all... I've never been a huge fan of video, so maybe I shied away from that more than I what should have at GI. Uh, confidence, lack of confidence, honestly. And I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to do, I'm, I'm hoping to do more with that. And, and Launcher, like, we're going to be doing streaming. We're going to do video content more. And yeah. Like, so I'll be in front of a camera more than I was. So it'll be good for me. And then before every time on camera, you're going to call Davey again? Oh, absolutely. Get a good pep talk. <laughs> I do got to. Go to pep on silence. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Judy and I have been good friends for, like, a number of years now. I think ever We're since, what, now. E3 2016 when yeah. we met. I remember when I met JV, I, I honestly, instantly, I was like, I want to be friends with this guy. He's a complete dork. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a tall, Finally, a dork in the industry. <laughs> a tall dork. And, I don't know, we just played off each other yeah. really well. So. Do you think Parker was, like, you two coming to Game Form around the same time? And so it kind of felt like, well, we should stick together because we're both a little bit just in a new territory, sure learning the world. I think that's yeah, like a little you know? bit of it, but I think it's mostly we have the same dark sense of humor. Mm. Yeah, some other, really dumb know. sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, if we could go back in time and you guys could do any video content that you wanted together at Game Informer, what would you have done? Stream with the cat. Stream with the cat. And adventure games. Okay, so the slowest games possible, Let's but, play point and but click with adventure games with cat. With we cat. have the cat play. Because mm. oh. Elise's cat is really dumb. That's so, not true. Mm-hmm. That is not true. Totoro is the smart one. You should test it. You should set up like a series of tests for your cats to figure out definitively which one is smart and which one is very dumb. Actually, um, what was it? Last Christmas, I had these. Oh, don't do this. These miniature little what? Little Christmas packs uh, of like they're um. Why can't I talk? Uh, <laughs> these little um, little Christmas gifts, these little boxes, yeah. and I put them in front of them, and I filled them with treats, and I was like, how quickly, or can either of them actually open them? Uh, and I filmed the whole thing. Corvo was, he had no idea what he was doing. He, he, he like, gave up. After, you got him after like, yeah. 30 mm-hmm. seconds. No, there was the same gift. There yeah, was the same lousy. exact gift. It was treats. Our favorite salmon-flavored treats. Totoro has lower standards. And Totoro mm-hmm. also kind of gave up at first, and I helped him a tiny bit, but mm-hmm. like mostly the he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Research oh, bias absolutely. right there. Were hey. the gifts wrapped? No, uh, th- there were little boxes with a cover on it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, with a lid. They're and both and they were able, he was smarter. able to mm-hmm. actually lift the lid with his paw. It's very impressive. I just had to bring him back to it. <laughs> hey everybody, this is the MinMax show. We are going to be covering stuff this episode because uh, last week's episode was all about us sitting at this table for an eternity. Uh, but I think the number one sentiment in comments, if, if I may summarize everything, was like, you guys didn't give X game justice. You should have spent more time mm-hmm. on this game. Because there definitely were, like, Jedi Fallen Order, where did it land on the list? Somewhere towards the middle. And it's like we never had, we never pulled too much of that Jenga piece, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So with this episode, uh, it's going to be the community's chance to uh, tell us exactly why we were wrong and get some more good recommendations out there. So we're going to be calling people up from the exclusive uh, MinMax Discord uh, and having a random chat with people. I feel like on the Game Informer Show podcast, we tried doing this a couple times of just, like, letting people call in on Skype. Uh, but I think this community is going to be primed and ready, and I can't wait for people just to jump in and get some recommendations. Um, more table setting here. 
Next week, we will take the week off for the Big Mac show. I'm going to be traveling and stuff, so consider this. If you really want to savor uh, the podcast over the next couple of weeks, just pause this one every once in a while. Come back to it every day, just little chunks yeah. at a time. Right? There still will be uh, Min Max content rolling out, just not as much. Uh, stuff like the Great Goatee Hunt, we're going to be picking that up, I think, on January 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first Tuesday there, so not the first week, um, but after that. Um, so we'll be back with a vengeance then and with a new episode of Min Max Show and everything like that. But uh, make sure to enjoy your holiday break. Um, let's see. More table setting. Hospitals. Um, we got all those donations. Mm-hmm. Everybody was incredibly generous. We raised over $3,400 from the community, uh, and I had a very surreal experience going to a Target and then just, like, going to the electronic section. I was like, um, yeah, I'd like some Nintendo stuff. And, like, okay, what do you want? I was like, yeah, I'll take a nine switches. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so everyone was so confused. The security wow. guards just kind of come up and behind right. you. Yeah, exactly. But it was a very fun Shopping spree. I promise I wasn't just like grabbing chips off the rack and like throwing everything into the cart. I was trying to be very smart and judicious about like how many copies of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe do we need here and stuff. Uh, but thanks for everybody that donated. That was super fun. Uh, we've given it to the hospital. Hopefully we'll have some pictures at some point to share. Uh, there is a picture on Max's Twitter and uh, Instagram showing like the complete haul and stuff, which is amazing, especially when combined with all the toys that people brought to the Bauhaus uh, first meetup. Like it's just overwhelming. So it's very sweet. Thank you, everybody. Um, JV, do you want to talk about Star Wars at all? Yeah, I mean, we can. Okay, no spoilers. We oh, have, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Star Wars, are we talking about Fallen Order or the movie? I want to talk about the movie. <laughs> well, I don't think Elise has seen it. I haven't yeah, seen I haven't it. seen it either. Okay, yeah. so no so spoilers whatsoever, but you were positive on it. Yeah, I was I was not as positive on it as, like, The Last Jedi, but uh, I enjoyed it. You know, it felt more like a fan convention than, like, you know, maybe a traditionally great movie. But Interesting. I mean, I cried a little bit during it, yeah, and I enjoyed it. There were definitely, like, the beginnings rough it's in terms so of, like, editing. Fast. Yeah. It is insane. It's like, there's no greater transition or just, like, difference in Star Wars films going from The Last Jedi, which, you know, is still relatively it fast. It takes its time. But it feels like it takes its time, right? And then the beginning of this, if you watch those back-to-back, I think you would vomit based on the speed of everything that happens in Rise of Skywalker, because it's nuts. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I liked it, ultimately. Oh, good. Yeah, no. Uh, we recorded uh, Max Spoilers on that. You can find it on Max's YouTube channel, or if you're a Patreon supporter, it should be in the exclusive audio feed. And there were some comments saying, like, Hanson, I felt like you were holding back. I think it was a little bit, because it's like, I like being positive. I like talking about the things that were cool in the movie. Mm. But then, all in all, it's like, I, I don't think I like that film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's fair, like, especially if you're going off of, if you had expectations that The Last Jedi set up, and then this movie didn't, not only didn't execute on them, but backpedaled hard on several of in them. I think ways. that's absolutely fair. Right. It's an interesting movie. I look forward to you guys seeing it. Anyways, that's enough of that. Do you guys want to start calling the community? Yeah. Sure. Cold calling the community. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. Uh, we now have Scott Campbell, known as Stud Muffin, on the line. Hello, sir. Right. Hi, Scott. Hello. You Hi. are uh, a mod in the Discord, uh, and that was a late entry, but you've done such an amazing job with this community. Uh, you're a graphic designer. You've made a sweet MinMax logo that we will absolutely turn into a T-shirt because we hit our goal of 11,000, thanks to everybody in the community, and so we're going to be making a, a lot more merch, and your cool logo will absolutely be one of them, sir. I can't wait. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's your deal? Why are you so nice? Um, I found my true purpose in life, and I think I was just born to be a MinMax community member. So. That's very sweet. Do you, are you a member of a lot of discords? Because you seem to know everything about everything. 
No, <laughs> I started a Discord and never used it, and this is the first one that I've really gotten into. Oh wow! All right, you're you're very smart. Uh, all tech questions. He like has a very beautiful write up for me, like all like the colors and stuff in the official Discord. That's all, Stud Muffin. Okay, Stud Muffin, what game do you want to champion? What did we get wrong uh, for the big list here? Okay, it's time to give Fortnite some more love. Well, it's been nice talking to you, Stud Muffin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you guys talked about it in the best moment, which I think it was deserving, but Fortnite did a lot in 2019 besides just blacking out for a few days. (laughs) You're right. Uh, From, like, a 30,000-foot view, that's all people want to talk about, right? It's like, that was crazy. All right, moving Uh on. (laughs) It was both crossovers. I mean, we had Stranger Things, Marvel with Endgame, Batman, Star Wars, and even Borderlands, when Borderlands 3 came out, they did a whole section of the map that was devoted to Borderlands. It changed the art style of that game. So, and it's not just skins either. Like, these crossovers include gameplay and modes and new weapons and everything. So, I mean, it's basically becoming the Super Smash Bros. of the world's largest franchises. That's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think... Yeah, and the gameplay is still fun, or has it just grown to a point now where it's just become a more interesting platform than it is game? I love the gameplay loop. Uh, To me, it's super satisfying. And they even tweaked it a lot this year, so now it's skill-based matchmaking. So no matter how good or bad you are at Fortnite, you can get in there and even fight some bots, so you can get a couple of kills. Uh, You can play, and you're not necessarily going to be going up against the expert builders. So, yeah, they did a lot. What about uh, the creative mode? That's what it's called, right? I've never tried it, but really? for the people who love building uh, games like Mario Maker or um, Minecraft, I mean, that's going to be the perfect mode for them. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so you think we blew it by not having Fortnite on this list? Yeah, you blew it big time. Okay. So I'm canceling my pledge, but I'll still be a mod. Love it. Well, you take what you can get. All right, Sud Muffin, thank you so much for your excellent work and uh, for a really good year so far, man. Thank you. All right, take care. Have a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Jacob Gallagher got to get Forever Wilds right now, right? Oh, Okay, here we go. I'm kidding. I love Jacob. I was so happy to hear that I was going to be on with JD and Elise, as well as the rest of everyone who's great. Yeah, I guess we're fine. Okay, so you wanted to champion uh, Outer Wilds, Jacob Gallagher. That's right. Okay, so why? What are we missing about Outer Wilds other than Kyle not finishing it? <laughs> so Outer Wilds, I think, is it's kind of like the Witness in terms of effortless learning. That the, the game is teaching you the rules of how to play through just playing the game, and kind of you don't know how to do something, and you wander away, and then you come back and you know how to do it. But unlike The Witness, which was totally these kind of, like, abstracted, you know, kind of planes that you were, or mazes that you were going through, Outer Wilds is, like, you are learning laws of physics and, and like, kind of scientific theories and all of these different things that tie into, you know, the, the big story of the game, which is great, but also just, like, gameplay mechanics that you truly had no idea existed and then, and then you just naturally kind of come across something that teaches you this whole new way to see the game. And it's just the most kind of effortless learning experience I can remember having with a game. And it just feels like true, true exploration and true learning in a way that I've never felt before. Yeah, so, I mean, your game of the year, then. 
It's it is one of my games of the decade. It's like probably oh, wow. you know, number three of the twenty tens. Oh, that's high praise. Yeah, I've heard some yeah. people say that it's genuinely one of their favorite games of all time. Now uh, yeah. on the other side of the fence we have JV Waldney who actually reviewed it for Game Reformer and you Oh, I know. <laughs> you call it a, a flaming trash pile? Was that your headline? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh it's one of those games where you know, Jacob eloquently made the case for it, and I get it, and I get why people love it, but it was not for me. It was not effortless learning for me. I ran into a lot of, you know, sort of janky sections. Uh, it wasn't ever um, an issue of like, oh, I don't know where to go. It's like, oh, I'm struggling with these controls, and they're not great, and I don't love it. And, you know, there's this weird sort of stealth section later on where you have to sneak past a bunch of really cool-looking space anglerfish who insta-kill you and eat you. Um, and it's just there were so many hurdles that I came up against that made me that made me love the idea of the Outer Wilds much more than, like, the actual game that I was playing. Right. But for people who didn't run into those frustrations, like Jacob here, or, you know, anyone else who says, oh, it's one of the best games ever, I get it. It's just not for me. I don't think it's a bad game. I don't think it's anywhere near a bad game. It is just not for me. Didn't have the spark. Yeah. That that is pretty much uh, how I feel about it, too. It was the, the controls and the jankiness that really kept me from fully enjoying it. But I think... In terms of exploration and in terms of the different planets that you can visit, there is some really cool stuff there. And um, I would have I, – I didn't play through the whole thing. I never beat it. Um, and it was really just the fact that it was tedious to play that, that kind of kept me from continuing. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if they've, if they've tweaked it or patched, you know, some of those things since then. But yeah. I, I struggled at least with, like, the launch version. It, it's definitely a game I want to play, like, four years from now. Again, to see, like, how... Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, to see, you know, if my opinions have changed. Because that's happened with games before for like me. No like, No Man's they, Sky, for example. Yeah, No Man's Sky. Well, yeah, but that's not a matter of, like, patching it, just in terms of, like, how you will change yeah, your yeah, perspective like, on it. Yeah, oh, like, okay. Like, Deus Ex Human Revolution. I yeah. played that game when it came out, and I hated it because it wasn't the Deus Ex that I wanted. Really? But a couple of huh. years later, I revisited it and loved it, Yeah. you know, because I was a different person. So that could totally be the case without a wild, but... My initial playthrough, I did not love that game. All right, thanks for calling in, Jacob, and giving us another chance to dunk on Outer Wilds. Now, do you feel like, <laughs> do you think the ending of that game would have changed Kyle's opinion and would have affected the list? Do you think that he's missing out on a big chunk by not seeing Kyle? I think I think that the, it it ends really strong. Absolutely, it has has a phenomenal ending. But even better than that is the feeling of when you finally have all the puzzle pieces and and then the end of the game asks you to put them all together. And it's like, you know, we, we call this game kind of like a Groundhog Day type game. You know in the end of Groundhog Day when Bill Murray just does everything perfectly? Yeah. You know, he like, he catches the kid falling out of a tree and he does all of that stuff. It's like, you know, the the ultimate kind of test of your knowledge and everything that is what I found was, like, the most rewarding thing. And so, yeah, the the feeling of finishing it is something that I think is really crucial to the wide appeal of the game. All right. That's helpful, man. Uh, Jacob Geller, do you want to plug your awesome YouTube channel and your video essays? Uh, my my YouTube channel is Jacob Geller. Go there and watch me talk about Outer Wilds. I love your videos. I love your videos. Viewers and listeners, so Jacob much. does amazing work. You should go watch his videos. He's great. He's super insightful. Learned it all at Game Informer. Oh, very <laughs> sweet. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.
Hey, that worked out. Nice guy. He's wrong, but nice guy. <laughs> nice dude. All right, what do you guys like? Ooh, let's see. We did Mansion 3. We didn't give enough uh, sure. credit oh, to. Oh, sure. Did you play that, Elise? I have not, but I want to. Okay. We're calling up... Probably uh, a little during the holiday break. The Lord and Savior here, Flaming Queso, who is mm. very active oh. on the Discord and very helpful. Hello, Flaming, uh, Flaming Queso. Hey, howdy, hey. What's going on? Hey, not much, man. You're on with J.D. Gwaltney, Jeff, um, and Elise and I. Hi. Hey, Queso. Yeah. Uh, you that said, is amazing. What is going on? Uh, you know, just we're anxious to learn about Luigi's Mansion 3. Well, my first question is, though, this is important. Yeah. Jeff, I know you love computers a lot, but uh-huh. Jamie and Elise, are you guys also computer-loving cohorts? <laughs> In terms of what? Like <laughs> coding or yeah. like the actual no, it's, a dumb, it's a dumb inside joke. That's, that's lovely. Uh, my hometown newspaper wrote about the math. <laughs> And they described uh, Jeffum and Kyle and Serial as my, quote, computer-loving cohort. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, they're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love I be a computer-loving cohort. They're cohorts, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, big time cohorts, too. And stick around. Flaming Queso, thank you. It's wonderful to hear your voice and uh, not to see a name uh, constantly popping up in the Discord, but you've been a, an amazing champion of the Vinmax community so far, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, it, it's just been a lot of fun, man. It's, it's a great community that you guys kind of put together. And, yeah, Discord, like you said, is a Shangri-La. But, I mean, even more than that, it's, it's, it ends up being a pretty hilarious place at times. Those yeah, so stupid gun emojis. I should be annoyed by them by how frequently <laughs> they're put in the Discord, but it makes me laugh every time. It's just like people have emojis of our faces or just like different faces. Oh, no. And then, like, different hands of gun emojis so it's just like this constant standoff with different expressions and it's so funny they line up amazingly well yes absolutely okay Flaming Queso we just mentioned three Uh, what did we get wrong on our list man Uh, you guys said some good things about it Kyle said some really nice things um, but then it ended up just kind of falling off immediately so I just really wanted to to push it back on there it doesn't have to be at the top you know even in the top of the ten list but somewhere in there and here's why I'm thinking it I mean because I don't have a ton of notoriety, I'm just a, a melty pot of cheese, right? Um, <laughs> let me give you, uh, let me do a little get a load of this here real quick. Mm-hmm. Get a load of this. Man, he's got So it. on November 13th, a little, uh, some, some random guy, you guys might know him. I, I don't know if you know him. Some guy by the name of At the Real Andy Mack. Oh, interesting. Tweeted yeah. out. Had to do some traveling today, and it gave me some time to finally sit in Luigi's Mansion 3. And I gotta tell you, this game is incredibly charming. Love all the little details and interactions in the world. I'm smitten. And you had a bunch of heart eye emojis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one more, one more, get a load of this. Um, Jason Schreier of Kotaku on November 6th said, During a time when everything is terrible, thank goodness for Luigi's Mansion 3, which is just a delight to play. No doubt. That was during kind of the dead spin um, Kotaku Mm. uh, stuff that went down this year. And, I I mean, I think that that Jason Schreier one speaks volumes to what I love about Luigi's Mansion 2, and that that game is just a delight all the time. Yeah, and it's really interesting if you zoom out a little bit, just like what a strange piece of comfort food yeah. it was. Like, Kotaku's going through a tough time. You know, Andy's been pretty stressed out this year, and it's fascinating that, like, this is the game that both of them go to of, like, mm-hmm. trying times in the journalism space. And it's like, oh, but thank God Luigi's still scared of these stupid No, exactly. I mean, and it ends up coming all together. Like, it just ends up being a fun time every moment that you're playing that game. 
Um, you guys put it on your best thing list, yeah. which I think is exactly right. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, the other thing I love about this game is it's so approachable, and it's approachable by everyone, little kids, older kids. Like, it's the perfect amount of challenge, yeah. and it really has a level of polish that we haven't seen before. And if the only negative thing that was said about Luigi's Mansion is that, oh, it's just another Luigi's Mansion. Well, we haven't had a console Luigi's Mansion since, what, 2001? That's a great oh, point. Okay. Yeah, so, for sure. <clears throat> no, great point. Uh, I really think we should get up there. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's like why in 2017, like, I put uh, Breath of the Wild is my number one, even though I probably, like, love Wolfenstein more. is because yeah. of, like, oh, I needed this sort of, like, joyous exploration in this really bad year. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think that's totally a valid reason to argue for a game for game of the year. It is, yeah, and especially, like, it helps so much, too, when it's like, we don't have to speak for Game Informer, and, like, at mid-max, we can just be like, well, I love this. You know, Kyle loved Pokemon and Luigi's Mansion this year because he played it with his family, and he loved it so mm-hmm. much. Like, I love Baba's You because it's, like, one of the few games that, like, my girlfriend and I overlap on, and we had such a good time playing it. It's yeah. like, you know, it's funky, but at the same time, it's like, we can only go off our experience, and oh, those definitely. other people boost the experience, you know? Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's not even just about how quality the game is, it's also your your personal experience with it. Yeah, oh, right. absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Flaming Kate. So uh, keep up the good work, dude. Thank you. You guys keep up the good work. Really appreciate it. All right, take care. Thank man. you. Uh, JV, do you want to move uh, your Spy House coffee cups so the Wall of Heroes uh, will get their Oh, yeah, honor? that's really a really good idea. <laughs> that's totally fine. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, interesting. Um, we have... Do you guys want to hear defense? Oh, here we go. Goose game. Yep, do we got to give Goose game. Oh, my God. Goose game, not make the it did not make the list. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're calling Belly It. I'm punching both of you. All right. That's very fair. <laughs> I need to play it. That's the only reason I, I didn't have anything to say. You monster. I know. Hello, Belly It. The goose looks down on you. Belly It. Belly It. <laughs> not names. picking up. See, these goose people. Yeah. Oh, Flaky. No. Flaky. Goose or geese? Geese. Uh, you know. Do you think they'll call the sequel Untitled Geese Game? I mean, there's got to be a it's sequel. Co-op? No, they'll give it a title. Untitled Geese. I will put money on that. It will have co-op. It will be called Untitled Geese Game. Right there now. There you go. All right. Sorry, Belliot. Uh, not picking up. Therefore, no defense allowed. Oh, here's a weird one. Uh, Trail of the Cold Steel 3. Is it Cam Wallace? <laughs> yeah, jumping into this one. <laughs> this is Forest L. Forest L. Do these people know you're calling them? And it's assumed. Hello, Forestell. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Hey, real Hi, good. Forrest. Right, you're on with me and Jimmy Gualdi and Elise Favis and Jeff Marquiafava. Hey. Hiya. I was very cool. excited to see you jump in the chat and say Trails of Cold Steel 3. Why should this game get more love this year, man? Uh, it's one of the strongest JRPGs I've played. Um, from the main cast to just playing like random shopkeepers, like, everyone feels like an actual character, like, after almost every major story beat, um, everyone in town has new things to say. It's like the same feeling you get when you return to the Normandy on Mass Effect after missions. You're like, oh, hey, everyone has something interesting to say. I want to see what, check in what this person is doing. Yeah. It's intimidating, though, because I, I played the first one um, a little bit, and it's like the idea of going into the third one now. I remember even Kim Wallace was like, yeah, don't do it unless you're playing all of them. Yeah, it's a... You really have to play the other games to kind of really get it, but... If you do, it's just really worth the time you invest in it, even though it's really, really long. Yeah, it's just a good classic JRPG. 
Yeah, the combat has like a really a large amount of depth and to really get through it, you really have to understand not only your party, but like the enemy you're fighting, like good tactics. The UI is like insanely slick and just like, it's a turbo mode, which is like the best thing in JRPGs. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when I was a Game Informer, Kim Wallace spent years like trying to convince a lot of us to right. play Trails of Cold Steel, and I haven't yet. Yeah. But hearing all of like the Mass Effect in particular, like, you know, comparisons and having a lot of free time now for some reason yeah. might get me to hop on that train. It's weird, too, like, the fact that this year there's, like, two... I know Fire Emblem isn't a JRPG, but, you know, it has some of those trappings, but just that idea that, like, the two games are both set in a school, mm-hmm. Japanese, you know, RPG-inspired, it's, it's a weird overlap, and I think a lot of people are like, well, I had that itch scratched by Fire Emblem this year, but maybe... J.B., you seem like the t- kind of guy who would actually blast through every Trails of Cold Steel. It depends, because I just have a bad history with JRPGs in terms of, like, finishing them. Yeah. You know, like, it depends on how traditional it is. If it's something like a Final Fantasy old-school JRPG, I probably won't finish it, just because there's something about the tediousness of those games. But right. if they're, like, if there's, like, an interesting twist on that battle system, or there's, you know, something there to keep me coming back to it, I'll probably, like, play through the whole series. Yeah, for yeah. Hey, Forrestal, thanks so much, man. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Good luck. Bye. All right. What else we like here? Um, Oh, Sekiro. People want to fight for. We talked about a fair amount of JV. Oh, interesting face. Uh, Here we go. Slay the Spire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yes. This is DeFeo, who we're calling up here, uh, wanting to fight for Slay the Spire. Hello, DeFeo. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, my gosh, your mic sounds amazing. Uh, this is Ben Hansen. You're on with J.B. Gwaltney, Jeffum, and Elise Favis. Hey. Hi. Oh, Hi. It's such an honor. Uh, thank you for your generous donations, by the way, uh, for the sweet toys for sick kids. Oh, stop it. Oh, okay. I guess I'll <laughs> he said he didn't want to be called out. He wanted to be a quiet hero. Uh, you wanted to fight for Slay the Spire. And I will fight alongside him. That yeah. game f***ing rules. <laughs> I got your back, too, on that one. Did you I- just start it, Jeffum? No, I I told you guys that I played it, but it, it was one of those where it's like I'm the only one at the table who even knows what this is. You so. should have I me. know what it is. It's the Vantac card thing where you're going to. Okay, the it's a good game though. Thing. Let the fail. Let the fail defend it. Why do you love Slay the Spire so much, DeFeo? Uh well, obviously I think games that come out in January, February, kind of like get lost in the hype of the later year for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was a game that I came back to. Time after time after time. Um, they recently added a third character. They will be adding a fourth character. They It first came out on PC, but now it's on PS4 and Switch. I think it breaks kind of the mold of these card-based games. You know, it's not a Hearthstone. It's not like an MTG clone. It's something that's completely different. And in a way, it's like an action-adventure tower climb. And I think that what they did in character and boss fights mechanically is very interesting because not every run is going to be the same and you know it has those roguelike elements that sure you could like fudge it and always do a dagger build on the silent or always do like a max block build but I think that if you love it enough that you have endless amount of play available to you yeah it's it's easily the most addictive game I played my last few years. Like I did that switch thing. I don't know if you guys did it, where you looked at like your switch stats oh, yeah. and saw like, oh, here's how much time I spent playing my switch. Here are the games that I, you know, played the most. Stardew Valley was my number one because I put like 80 hours into that. Oh wow! But uh, Play the Spire was right 
beneath it at like 70 really? or something. Oh, yeah. wow. And I didn't even think about it. I was like, wow, I really spent that much time with that game, but it's so good, and it's so good at getting you to keep replaying it in single sessions. Yeah. Yeah. DeFeo, I mean, do you have a personal list? Where is it in your in your ranking for the year? Um, I think that's difficult for me because time invested versus enjoyment is like a an odd thing. Yeah. I only have 48 hours in Slay the Spire, but it was something that I came back to time and time again. Right. Um, it would definitely be in top three. I personally think my number one is Apex. I know uh, PX Sausage wanted a champion that, so I didn't want yeah. to take his fire, but okay. he had a lead a little earlier. But, um, and my other one would be Team Fight Tactics, and I know that there's someone else that wants to champion that. Yeah, we'll jump but, to that one next. Yeah, they're definitely. it's definitely my top five. Um, there's a lot of games that came out this year that I didn't get to finish, so... I know that those three, for me, are very important to 2019. Yeah. Have you heard of Grifflands, the game? It's, uh, it has a very similar... It's, it's coming out, I don't know, what, in, in a year maybe? It's in early access. It's, it's right. in beta and early access on Steam, and it has a very uh, similar premise, like... Uh, like game structure wise, uh, is it on Steam or is it Epic Game maybe? It's Epic. It is Epic. Oh, is okay. it? Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, but it's from Epic. Clay. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, anyway, I I play a little bit and it's really cool. So it makes me want to go play Slay of the Spire because I've never actually. You should play Slay of the Spire for you. It's on my Switch. You yeah, I, I know it did that concept first. And it's yeah. very good. It's also on Xbox Game Pass too. Oh, yeah, there we go. You're out of reason not to play it. But it's perfect for the Switch. What's What's that smart thing that people say that, like, uh, imitation's the highest form of flattery? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that Slay the Spire did something kind of super insane because now there's, like, you know, upteen versions of this. Like, I never heard of Grifflands before, and I'm looking at it on, on Steam right now. And there's other games like Blood Card and other things like that that bring in this whole build a deck, fight a thing, and do a thing. And I, I think it just needs to get more credit, more love. And I know it's like a Dan Tad joint, but I love to hear that. Three <laughs> yeah. of the four people I'm talking it, to like it. It, it is, yeah, it is sure. a great game in spite of the fact that Dan Tack likes it. Wow, great point. Hey, DeFeo, thank you so much for your great work in the community, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Right. Thank you. Have a good thanks. one. Bye. All right, uh, Team Fight Tactics, I think, is a really interesting choice um, that we should. I don't even know what that game I is. Don't, yeah, that, oh, here we go. Uh, I know this fella. Let's call him up. Uh, jump to him. This is Nail, otherwise known as Michael Moran. Uh, and he's on the wall of heroes behind us. Also, I played StarCraft 2 with him. Oh. Let's see if he's home. This. Hello, Michael. Hello, Ben. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been so long since we talked. So long since we played games together, man. Is this really a person named Michael? Because I swear to God, I thought that was Leo. Oh, no, really? No, no. <laughs> secretly Leo. <laughs> high praise. That is very high praise. Yeah, hang on. Tell us a joke. Give them the text. You're on with Elise, JV, and Jeffa, man. Hey. Oh, God. that is an honor. Yeah. Big fans, guys. Big fans. It's very sweet. Um, remember uh, when you cried after a StarCraft game because I beat you so bad? Yes, I'm still recovering emotionally cool. and physically. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, you wanted to fight for Team Fight Tactics. Yeah, I feel like uh, that whole genre deserves some mention, right? As much as we all love Strand games, <laughs> I feel like Auto Battlers were the real breakout genre in terms of new genres this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think it deserves some representation. And, like, similar to kind of how Battle Royales went last year, I think the third-ish developer to take a shot at it is the one that really struck gold, and that's Riot. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, I think Teamfight Tactics is just really simple and accessible, but there's a lot of room for depth, kind of like a lot of TCGs. I'm a fan of TCGs, and this is basically a drafting trading card game, but with a property that I also happen to love. I know it's probably none of you guys play League, and Suriel uh, is the only one who seems to be in a MOBAs, but it is a really popular property, and I think they made the best auto battler this year. Yeah, so even if you don't have any love for Dota or League of Legends, you'd say go to Teamfight Tactics over anything else? Uh, I think so. Obviously, if you did like Dota, you'll probably have more fun in with Underlords, but yeah. I had plenty of friends who hate League, are annoyed by the community and the game itself <laughs> and its popularity, um, the Fortnite of old, if you will. Yeah. But they all downloaded this client just to play Teamfight Tactics. I think it hit like... Uh, they had like 33 million players each month for the first few months. Yeah, uh, but still. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, you're right. We should absolutely uh, give that tip of the cap this yeah. year. It's huge for so many players out there. Yeah, I think it's the next logical progression with that whole RTS to MOBA to now this, taking away uh, the need to micro and control a lot of units and just focusing purely on strategy. Um, so if you don't like StarCraft like me and Hanson, this is a bit slower paced. Yeah. And the MOBA or the the mobile version, I think, is coming next year, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for uh, fighting for awesome. Auto Battlers, man. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Hey, thank, thank you, guys. All right, take care, dude. See ya. I don't believe you for a second. That was Leo. Are you serious? I, I, I don't think he sounded that I like think he sounds like Leo. There's no way that was Leo. Do you? I know it's been a while, but do you remember what Leo sounded like? <laughs> the sexiest voice in the world. It's very good. <laughs> I like how distinct Leo's voice is. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, Billy, it's trying to call. Let's try it here. This was Goose Guy? I think so. <laughs> Goose Guy. Hello, Belliot? Hey, hello. Oh, good God. Uh, all right, we tried calling you earlier, and now uh, you're on the line with JV and Elise and Jeff and I, and you wanted to talk about Untitled Goose Game. I did, yes. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Okay, more than a joke, you're saying this holds up as one of the greatest games of the year. I truly think this is the best game of the year. Yes. Number one? I definitely think so. Yes. There you okay, go. why is that? To me, it comes down to that this uh, Untitled Goose game is that game that um, advertises and stuff. You know, we always hear this kind of repeated thing of, like, in video games, you can be whatever you want. Um, and but so often the games are kind of the same. Untitled Goose Game is truly a game that we have never seen anything like it before. You're just a weird little goose, and you walk <laughs> around the neighborhood sewing chaos. Yeah. It's just a truly unique experience, and I love that they fully delivered on it and did the perfect job with an absurd, weird premise. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And I think for me, I wanted more of that sheer chaos and less like finicky. Puzzles, but again, I'm very stupid and I'm not uh, very hip to puzzles overall. Uh, really, what do you want from the future of the Goose series? Franchise. Franchise. Uh, I, I think the truthful answer is I don't want more from the Goose series. Mm -hmm. I want, like, the, more things in that spirit of, like, here's a weird idea that shouldn't be a full game, but we've put in the time and effort to make, like, a really charming full realization of just a strange idea that maybe vaguely relates to something you can see in real life. Untitled Sabertooth game. Got it. Sabertooth? Yeah. Like a Sabertooth tiger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a weird pull. <laughs> yeah, Untitled Wooly Mammoth game. I would play that yeah. part. Uh, was any other part of the Game of the Year debate frustrating for you? Were you listening to it and you're like, oh, they're blowing it outside of Goose Game? 
Oh, I feel like that was my biggest thing. It was, it was, I, I, I don't uh, get a chance to play a ton of games, but like the ones that I did play that were on the list seemed great. The ones that I didn't get a chance to play that had high praise, it, it felt right to me. The only thing that kind of stuck out to me was I, I was thinking and I was talking with some of the people in the Min Max voice chat before this about like um, uh, uh, Jackbox Party Back. Yeah. And how it is so hard to rate those because so much of it is who you are playing with and if 100%. you have a good time with them. Right. You might as well just be reviewing your friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those games are garbage for me. <laughs> now that Elise has moved, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for your call, Belly. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Uh, okay. We got so many good ones to choose from. Um, Unprofitable Servant here wants to fight for Division 2, which was the one that we didn't give. Uh, much yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, you played a lot of it, Judy? Yeah, I'd, I'd fight for him. Oh. Or I'd fight with him, yeah. I guess. It was, it's, it's a weird thing, because it came out and everyone's like, this is really solid. And then I feel like people just, the storyline bubbled up that like, oh, well, it kind of trailed off, so meh. Yeah. But you got to give credit for Ubisoft pulling it off. And I feel like they've been really good at communicating with their audience, too, yeah. like their specific Ubisoft community. Oh, it's a shame. Unprofitable servant. Not picking up. Not picking up. Ooh, All right, we'll come back later. Um, what about? Oh, here you go, JV. Uh-huh. Oh, actually, here's two for you. Oh no. Let's go for observation for James yes. Smith here. Great, thank you for swearing just as much. Hello, James Smith. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey, you're on with Elise, JV, and Jeffum. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hey. Uh, doing real good, doing real good. You wanted to fight for observation. I did, yeah. Uh, so you cringed when we cut it from the list for the Minmax? I, I did. I uh, a lot of hate that I have for you. So. Yep, all right, well, that's fair. Uh, the show is yours. I've turned it over to you. So observation, what wowed you about that this year? Um, I don't know. I'm not a big on horror games myself, but uh, observation does a lot of stuff really well in like, how it scares you sort of psychologically. So, like, there's not some big, like, monster chasing you or something like that. It's more like, it does a lot of really good stuff with the puzzles as well, I think. So, it does, it has, like, sort of less traditional puzzles where it's a lot of sort of space station equipment. And it's all sort of, uh, it looks, it's very much like how you would expect space station stuff to look. And it sort of expects you to figure it out, but it does a really good job of walking that line of sort of, Stuff being sort of looking intimidating, but also yeah. not being too difficult to understand that you feel like an idiot. Right. You and Jamie, you love this game too, right? Yeah, it's like my number six okay. on my game of the year list, I think. And you, I mean, Alien's your favorite film of all time. Yeah? Alien is absolutely my favorite film of all time. This feels like Alien in 2001 smashed together and put into a game. Really? Yeah. There's some puzzles thrown in there for good measure. Yeah. Um, well, 2001 is the ultimate puzzle. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's developed by the people who did Alien Isolation. By like ten people from that team. Oh, like okay, so they left that team and yeah. formed this new one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's at Millcourt, and they're actually in Glasgow, funnily enough, which yeah. is nice. Oh, interesting. And that's where you are. I'm uh, I'm near Glasgow, near enough. Okay. Uh, hey, James Smith, you've been really great in the community. Any um anything you'd like us to get better at for next year with Minmax? Uh, no, I think you're doing a good job so far. Look at that, Jeff. I'm awesome. That was directed at you, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I'll take it, even well, though hey. it wasn't. James Smith, thank you so much for your call, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one, James. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 
What a hero. He was right. Observation rule. It is a good game. Okay, JV. Yeah, I feel like I have like five more games that I have to play now. I know. I thought <laughs> it was done with 29. I think you'd really like Observation. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you would too. It does some cool stuff with perspective. Too. It's pretty short too. It's like mm-hmm. six hours. Yeah, I wanted to check it out. Can, yeah. It's just another one of those many games that yeah. I didn't get to. That story is wild. It was crazy to like have that moment of like, wow, we recorded uh, our game of the year discussion. I have my top ten list locked, and it's, now I can play anything. And it's like, well, I got to finish this Elysium. Oh, it's insane! I haven't played more Death Stranding. And then you start piling it up, it's like, oh, I'm still just in the, the yeah. thick of it here. Yeah. You know? Uh, okay, hey, Javi, this is one for you mm. from the classic Nick from Atlanta, uh, Asian Perk in the Discord. Okay. Uh, he wants to fight for Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, buddy. Okay. Okay. I, need to get I, don't have, I don't have PTSD from that game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see if Asian Perk will pick up. I remember you and Kim, like, beating your heads against the wall with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was it a positive experience all in all, or was it just brutal to, to blast through it? I'm still recovering. Ask me two years from now. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, Nick, it didn't pick up, but let's go you're back to Unprofitable Service. very bad while you were playing that game. Is it the game's fault? Yes. Okay. Hello, Unprofitable Servant. Yes, hello. Hello. Um, We were trying to call you a while ago. What game did you want to champion again? Uh, I'm here to talk about Hamilton as the greatest work of all time. About time, man. By the way, did you see Knives Out yet? I'm... Going on Monday. That movie rules. Oh, it movie rules. to see it. And there's just a very fun, quick Hamilton reference. Was like, I love it. I love what a weird time and place it is. Um, but okay, realistically, unprofitable servant. What did you want to champion here? The Division Two. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, make your case. What did we blow by not playing more Division Two this year? So I have a short list here. Five points I'd love like it. to uh, put out there. First of all, it is a great recreation of Washington, D.C., tons of awesome landmarks. I think uh, best best city recreation I can think of in a game. Interesting. Uh, So that's point one. I think the uh, navigation in that world, the movement, is just awesome. You know, the cliche closing the door as you're moving along the car. Um, Yeah. That's part of it, but I think you can run and jump through windows so quickly and easily you slide across the hood of a car it just feels pretty badass if I'm yeah for sure um and then um i think you know the story is not anything special but there's actually pretty interesting like found footage and um collectible uh notes and stuff like that you can find uh you know survivors debating you know the futility of existence and just yeah, so like the yeah, larger story doesn't really build up too much. You know, that was a big takeaway. A lot of people are like, I don't know who those characters were. I don't know what was going on there. But just minute to minute, you think there's interesting details in that world. Yep, and so that's number three. Number sure. four, progression uh, through the city as you're clearing out like sector by sector. It's just a nice, satisfying sort of progression. You take a control point that just happens pretty naturally. I think that was um, a nice sort of loop. And then... Uh, Finding encounters in the world is just way more natural and uh, satisfying than, like, Destiny, where you're just trying to avoid people to get to the next thing. Yeah. Um, yes, then, I, well, all right. I was just going to say, point number six, the interiors in that game rule. Like, so many open world or, like, shared universe games with yeah. other players, all the insides of buildings look the same. 
but every single building you go into the division feels unique. Not right. even like because it's know, like an actual museum. Not even have that it. like what remains of Edith Finch effect, where like every room feels like very unique. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking about like the Smithsonian and stuff. I'm talking about oh, office building on the street corner. You know, this looks way different than the other office building, like any other office building in the world. Every place feels unique, even from the big spaces to the small spaces. That never happens, ever in that yeah. kind of game. Right. And it's crazy that the final boss encounter is in Elisa's apartment. Yeah. I didn't it's, actually, it's actually her cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a profitable servant had a yeah, number. Your final point, sir. Yeah. Sorry. Final point. Uh, I think they've done a decent job of uh, supporting it post-launch. Uh, they've made uh, a roadmap spacing out the releases throughout the year and uh, it's all free so good monetization on their part again um, I think one of the best uh, things like you were just mentioning with the environments the, the zoo is one of the uh, post release maps and it's just phenomenal you go and have a shootout in like the crocodile layer it's, it's awesome not since Army of Two 40th Day has there been a good zoo in a video game I think I think yeah like it's probably the best live service game that came out this year to me in terms of, like, Release this is a game that came out this year and they supported it with, like, great stuff. Yeah. Like, from the get-go, it was great, and it's been, you know, pretty good support since then. And I got to say, I mean, I only played the first couple hours or something, but compared to so many other games in that in that vein, I think it does an amazing job on ramping. Yeah. Which is an unbelievable challenge for that entire genre, right? But it's like, I was not, I get turned off by complexity really easily, and going into that game is like, okay. Like, it keeps you moving at a really good pace. It doesn't overwhelm you with just menus and numbers and all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, I'm Profitable Servant. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Take care. All right, right, now we're back to Sir Asian Perk. Uh, We all recall exactly what he was fighting for. Oh, I remember now. Monster in the World Iceborne. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's bring JV back to the pits of hell uh, together. Hello. Hello, Nick from Atlanta. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Oh, real good. Uh, thanks for calling in. You wanted to champion Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, first of all, thanks to you, to Dan, Jeff, um, JV, and Elise for, you know, taking the call. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No like, problem. Very welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter World Iceborne, you know, like, I'm not going to talk too much about the base game because, you know, that's kind of been there. But it's, for, for me, it's a lot of the improvements that they've, they've brought to Iceborne. Um, and, you know, kind of with typical Monster Hunter releases before, they have the base game where you have low rank and high rank, and this is the equivalent of the G-rank expansion. Right. So, you know, they've done the typical thing where they add a lot of um, new monsters. The roster is nearly doubled, so it's gone from 36 to 66 monsters. Um, but a lot of it is also, you know, just kind of how you hunt. Um, trying not to get too much into the spoiler area for it, but kind of the real end game area, um, they has a really cool thing where it kind of brings together um, different regions um, from the from the whole expansion. Right. And to be over game so, um, uh, And oh, go ahead. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, did you, uh, were you beating your head against the wall like JV was? Or uh, challenge-wise, how did you no. find it? Um, so I, I've played a lot of Monster Hunter. I mean, like, since Iceborne's release, I've, I've done 250 hours. Oh, my I, God. I hit 666 hours in the game before um, Iceborne even released it. Um, and I, I've, yeah, I, I have played probably, even prior to Worlds, I've put 2,000 hours into the series. 
um, just between um, three ultimate and four. That is mind-boggling, um, dude. Okay, yeah, no wonder you love it's, this. It's probably too much. What um, uh, do you think but, they can go back in the future and not have the what's it called the the clutch claw, or does that just need to be a staple for Monster Hunter moving forward now? Um, yeah, I mean, I I see that as something that is gonna stay with the series. I mean, like this is this is one of the main lines. This is like the basically Monster Hunter Five. So I don't see them going back on that. Yeah, um, and especially you know one of the additions with Iceborne was um, the clutch claw attached, where you can kind of weaken a monster's um, particular part and kind of, you know, you know, one of the big things that I see the game is, um, you know, different weapons have different effectiveness for different parts. And the clutch claw weakness lets you kind of, um, you know, take part of, like, each part's resistance away. So, you know, a lot of monster hunters specifically like, okay, I need, you know, the tail part for, um, you know, this armor piece that I'm making. Um, so you can weaken the tail to, you know, make it easier to break and everything. Yeah. So, I, like, I found that to be a really great addition, and the uh, the new raid, like, um, or the new siege, you know, really plays into that. Um, you know, that's part of, like, I know, you know, this was very much not a, um, you know, a, a game that the, the table played, but I was kind of disappointed that it didn't get brought up during the uh, uh, Capcom Award. Um, yeah, you're right. Just mm-hmm. kind of based off of <laughs> all the content that they've put out for Iceborne for free, and, um also, how they've listened to, like, community feedback with the Guiding Lands area. Yeah. Uh, JV, when you look back at your time with Iceborne, do you have, do you appreciate the game, or is it just rage for dozens of hours? Okay. I need to get some background here, because <laughs> it just makes it sound like I played this game and got mad about it. I right. was on the review uh, team with Tim, Kim Wallace. Not yeah. Tim Wallace. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was reviewing the game, and I was her only backup. Through it, so I reached a point in the game, like three fourths of the way through, where we just kept beating our heads against the wall because we needed more players. Yeah, and so we reached out to Capcom USA to like see if we could round up some people to help us, and they wrote us mm-hmm. back and we're like, "Oh, you guys are ahead of us." That's insane. <laughs> so that's my relationship with that game is we hit a wall and then spent like something like five hours on each monster after that a piece. Yeah. And it was just so insanely stressful because Kim was running up against the tight deadline. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, it was much more stressful uh, yeah. for her, but even the blast radius of that yeah. right. was just, oh, my God, if I fail here, like, that's more stress on Kim. Yeah. So that's do, my relationship. Do you remember, like, what point of the game that was? It was, uh, it was the dragon that rots everything around it. It was, like, a modified version of the, one of the dragons ah. in the original game. Uh, but it's yeah. basically an undead thing where if you touch it, you get the death poison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Black Veil of Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> that one, um, you know, that's one of the ones that is really difficult. Like, in, you know, in base mod, Hunter Valhazak had Miasma, um, which, like, it's special effect is it drops your health. Mm-hmm. But Black Veil of Valhazak has the same thing, but it's it's got a much more area of control to it. So yeah, that, I can definitely see that as a really hard point for that. Yeah. For sure. Well, but, hey, Agent Perk, thank you so much. Uh, Jeff, I had one final message. Well, I was just going to say that that always makes sense when someone is playing a game that takes a huge investment and they're up against a review deadline that is absolutely going to change, you know, your experience with that. Mm-hmm. But I think 
for fans like Nick that yeah. that totally makes sense that they would want that very long game that they can invest all those hours in. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That. yeah, that yeah, I didn't intend any of that to be a knock against that game. Yeah. That's yeah. just my relationship to it. Hundred percent. Hey, yeah. Bert, thank you so yeah. much, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Uh, I saw a very interesting choice in here from uh, Mr. Minnesota Interesting or? Minnesota Interesting. Um, No, I just don't think I know too much about it. That is Surge 2 from Shaper. Oh, yeah. That is a weird choice. No one's talked about it this year, have they? No one on planet Earth has talked about Surge 2. Hello, sir. Hello. How's it going, man? Doing okay. Good. You're on with uh, JD, Elise, Jeffem, and myself, and you wanted to talk about Surge 2. Yeah, uh, so I, I should start by saying I'm not going to argue this for the top of the list. Okay. But, uh, this game totally lives in the bottom half. Yeah. If you... All right, so we've all played the original Call of Duty, yeah. and then a few years later, when Call of Duty 4 comes out, you're basically doing the same thing, but it's just so much better, and everything around the outside of it is just, like, right there to hook you. Right. This is basically that, but for Dark Souls. Interesting. Controversial take. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get some slack for that probably, but <laughs> it's, it's a game where it's a kind of like a near future sort of sci-fi take on the Dark Souls formula, like modern day, so the environments are kind of a fresh take. The The combat's pretty good. The, the character progression is all about getting new weapons and armor from the enemies that you're fighting, so you don't really have to like find any kind of hidden treasure chests and stuff you just naturally get better as you do combat. And there's a lot of kind of fun, kind of Metroidvania-style hooks of just different ways to traverse the environment that are really fun, and the level design makes pretty cool use of it. Did you have a better better from software experience with this game over Sekiro this year? uh, I did, but there's no way in hell I can argue that. (laughs) Like, it's it's clearly not a better game, but I personally had more fun Mm -hmm. with it, for sure. Yeah. Hey, cool. I appreciate it. Thanks for the input. Yeah. Um, anything you want to see from Minmax in the next year? Uh, more stuff. I don't more know. Stuff. You, you guys do what you're going to do. It's, I've been enjoying it so far. That's very We will make more stuff for yes, sure. We can guarantee more stuff yeah. right now as a hot exclusive for 2020. <laughs> Sweet. Well, hey, thanks for your time, sir. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I like that choice. Uh, that was interesting. Funky fresh. Find it very well too. Funky fresh. Um, oh, here's a here's a good one. Oh, I want to talk to this person as well. Um, Streets of Rogue. Hey, Lisa, have you noticed um, there's not many women in this Discord? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice. Uh, hello, Mike Spam. I should join. Hello. Yes. Hi. Uh, hello. Uh, you wanted to fight for Streets of Rogue? Yes, I bought it because of you guys, and it's my favorite game of the year. Oh, because of Leo uh, really championing it on the Game Informer show. Yeah, it was a new gameplay today that sold me, and I'm so glad. Oh, wow. This is, okay, so you want to explain, I'll just explain. She's a rogue, it's kind of like uh, overhead immersive sim uh, where it's just all about varying your different skills, and it, the world is constantly changing and surprising you as you're trying to work your way through multiple levels. And it's the only game that delivers on the you-can-do-anything fantasy right. for an immersive sim. Which is a bold claim, but it is so flexible. It's wild. There's so many different jobs and skills along the way. Because it's a top-down, like, 2D space, they can have a lot more systems in there without needing to support, like, the 3D. You can look anywhere. 
They can cut a lot more corners, and it works really well. Yeah, for sure. Streets of Rogue, and don't be confused. It's not a Streets of Rage parody. It's just a roguelike. I wanted to go for something. I remember playing a super early version of this in like 2017 at GDC. Yeah, I really should revisit like the final release because I was impressed by what I saw like way back in the day. Yeah, and it's available on Switch, so uh, it seems like a great game to play on the Switch. And playing it multiplayer versus single player is completely different, which is incredible. Just it does everything it sets out to do so well. Yeah. Now, Mike Spam, uh, you're famous on the podcast for submitting one of my favorite games, which is the game FAQ mm-hmm. Trivia. Yes. How did you come to I that? really enjoy writing those. <laughs> They're so well, much fun. I was think way back, I was thinking of a game no one's done. I was like, you know, no one's done anything with game FAQs before, so I'm just going to see what content's on the site. And then I saw just a random answer. I said, this is a really stupid question. How ah. many more of these are there? <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, hey, again, I know you said you don't want to do it every week. That's totally fine. Anytime you submit that in the future, odds are very high. We'll write on the show. Yeah, for it's sure. super fun, dude. All right. Dude, I love writing it. It's so good. Oh, There's good. so many I have to cut. Yeah, I bet. Okay, well, hey, thanks so much, my spam. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Okay, uh, let's get a couple more here. Does that sound good? All right. Um, let's see. There was one that stood out. Oh, here we go. Jim Chatterton, which has that, to be a favorite. That is not a game I've heard of before. Oh, really? All right. Uh, he wants to champion Lonely Mountains Downhill. Oh, yeah. Mm. Miller loves that game. Yeah, for sure. In a religious oh, experience with about that. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. Okay, Jim. Uh, I'll let you go because it's unreasonable, but thank you for wanting to support the Lone Mountain Sound Hill. Yep, thanks, guys. All right, bye. Anyways, Lone Mountain Sound Hill is a cool game. Oh, please. That's so rough. Too bad. I like the idea that there's just all these fans and they're like doing their own like normal day-to-day day-to-day day stuff and, yes. and we're they just get a calling call. them out of the blue it's like oh god I got an answer <laughs> we're terrorizing him, like, like, he was like driving and getting out of his car and going to and rob a bank that's one does okay Aiden also didn't pick up but hey Apex Legends worth checking out it's free everybody and it does deserve mm-hmm. a nod Respawn did a really amazing job with that and the they had two been busting ass. good-ish games this year yeah As, are you not a Jedi Fallen Order fan? fine okay what? okay Mr. PR guy has to play it safe. Thanks for everybody. I know it was a weird format, but thanks for uh, jumping in the Discord channel. And again, if you're listening or watching this and you want to join the Discord channel and talk to these nice folks on a daily basis, uh, supporters at any level uh, for our Patreon, patreon.com slash next to end, you get access to the Discord. Uh, thanks again, everybody. Now we get to move on to some emails. I'm sorry, community questions. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're a Patreon, Jeff. Are you aware of that? Oh, we are? Yeah, we as people are now a Patreon. Oh. You know that Patreon lifestyle, Dave. You know how this works? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have wonderful supporters. People go to Patreon.com slash Winmax 2Ns. Uh, the Wall of Heroes in the video version is behind us. If you support us at the $100 level, uh, you'll get on the Wall of Heroes. The good news is this is the last episode, not good necessarily, the last episode of December. So it's going to be a whole new refresh with a good chance to get in on the Wall of Heroes throughout the month of January. Mm-hmm. Or, if you support us at the $400 level, like uh, Hero Richard Mady here, 
we'll read anything you want on the show. A plug for your wife, Absolutely your pet, your business. Anything. Well, you know, within, <laughs> within, within you know, anything. Right. Don't legal. do it, Jeff. Don't do it. Uh, I'm going to write in. <laughs> I'm going to start the subscribing at that level. I, I was thinking about that just to, like, troll, like, easy allies or something, which I, I love. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I should just support them for one month and just write in with the fact that Toaster Strudels are 3,000 times better than Pop-Tarts. And then they removed uh, those ad reads no, from the show. Wait, 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 they wait, wait, they believe that Pop-Tarts are better than... Yeah. What? I, I am still unclear if it's a bit, but if it's a bit, it is the straightest bit I've ever seen in Toaster my life. Toaster Strudels are so much better. There's no question. They're maniacs out there, and they need to be stopped. Anyways, the point is, Richard Mady here, he says, hey, happy holidays, Min-Maxers. Are you getting cozy in your brand new VR headset? If so, check out To The Top, a first-person platformer that gives you superhuman abilities and the chance to escape from your family with hours of gameplay. Official PlayStation Magazine gave it a 9 out of 10. It's available on PSVR, SteamVR, Oculus Home. It's 2020, y'all. Take the leap into the future with To To The Top. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, I saw recently, this is very heartwarming, like some people in the Discord are like, man, Richard Baby's been such a good supporter of MinMax so far. Like, I'm actually going to check out To The Top. And then somebody actually streamed it, because in the Discord, mm. there's a channel devoted to, like, community streams, and someone streamed To The Top. Just the tip nice. of the cap for Richard. I thought that was that's very sweet. Very nice. That's very nice. Um, let's see. We have some questions here that wonderful people sent in. Number one, Mark Cruz. What game surprised you the most in 2019? I'll give you an example. I played Luigi's Mansion 3, and I was blown away. It surpassed expectations and how much I enjoyed it, and I was expected to like the game already. What game gave you an old boy moment while playing, so to speak? Disco Elysium. Like, Just out of nowhere? I, I, I didn't... I think it does some really ambitious things with RPGs, uh, and I, I, I just... I saw it getting a lot of love, but like, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize just how like in depth it would go. And yeah. I think like the the idea of just the thoughts in your own brain being like party members is such a weird and wild thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it does some really interesting twists on the whole like RPG and D and D kind of format. Yeah. So, Do you have yeah. a list for your favorite games of 2019? I'm I'm still putting that together, but yeah. it's. I, I can confidently say Disco Elysium is my game of the year. Really? And yeah. maybe the same for you? Mm, both it and the Outer Worlds, like, okay. right to the top spot. Right. Because they're right. so different. Like, the Outer Worlds, obviously, outside of... I work with Private Division. I do PR for that game, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. like, also, it's such good comfort. <laughs> he he actually genuinely loves that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but, like, Disco Elysium, to me, is, like, an analog would be, like, hearing punk rock for the first time or seeing something that totally changes like how you approach like oh this is what games writing can be from now on right like it's loud and it's angry and it's raw and rough in a way that like you know isn't a bad way like it's like oh man I want more of this I mean there's a whole lot of things that it like risky cool things that it does it goes so into like socio-political stuff and it um, and I think just dialogue wise like we were seeing some some games at the end of this year that were really, like, honing in on that, like, um, After Party and even Outer Worlds. Like, you can, like, you can go through so much of that game and, like, avoid combat with, like, the Silver Tongue. And, like, yeah, yeah. And I think Disco Elysium just takes that to a whole other level where yeah. absolutely everything, like, even, like, descriptions of things is all 
all of that text is done in like a dialogue form, which is so cool. Yeah, my the thing that I love most about Disco Elysium is that you've had all these RPGs into a greater degree like fantasy just works and sci-fi works in general that do this sort of thing of like, you know, oh, I wonder why the elves and, you know, the dwarves and the humans hate each other. I wonder what theme that could be, sure. you know, tapping into in a Disco Elysium Racism is just racism. Like, right. you know, people hate your partner because he's Asian. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you have a bunch of, like, white bigots who are like, oh, we hate that guy because he's from, like, a different country. And, like, the two philosophies in Disco Elysium aren't, like, bullshit versions of capitalism and uh, communism. They're just capitalism They're and just communism. They're straight up. Those right. But it's still yeah. a kind of different world overall. It's a different world, know? but, like, those things yeah. are, like, it's real. It's right. real. There's no, like covering it up with another name to, like, make it more comfortable. It's yeah, like, oh, I think, this makes me uncomfortable. I think Life, is strange, Life is strange 2 also kind of does that. Mm. You know, uh, looking at, like, Trump and looking at modern America through that kind of political lens and not shying away from it, not calling it something else. I mean, they never directly call out Trump, but it, there's a border wall and there's, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, they go very full into, like, this is modern America and this is what it's like to be, like, a Latino American in that in that space. Huh. I had no idea this what Life of Strange 2 was about. Yeah, that's that's because great. it's our game that we're sure is great, but we didn't play. <laughs> that's true. That's it's, it does true. it really well. How, do you think, like, five years from now, how do you think Disco Elysium will have an impact on the industry? I think it's going to be, I think you'll see a lot of RPGs, like, at the studio level trying to tap into that. I like the AAA level trying to tap into that, and you're going to see a lot of indie imitators. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's going to have a big effect. I wonder how much, like, those imitators, if they'll be as text-heavy as Disco Elysium is, because I think that is one, like, barrier to entry in some ways where, like, people don't want to read as much as there is in there. Yeah. Um, but I think it has, like, tons of really interesting ideas that I hope we'll see. Yeah, like the party the members in your head thing. Yeah. yeah. That is something absolutely big RPG studios are going to steal. But, like, yeah. I do think you'll see a lot of indie imitators who, like, assume, oh, we can do a lot of text now, and it's not good text. It's just quantity over quality, which is going to suck. But that, I do that's think what I'm worried about. But I do think we're going to see a lot of sort of indie developers and big developers run with the stuff that, like, uh, Disco Elysium does and the stuff that, like, Kentucky Route Zero does and just, like, you know, these sort of I hope so. indie, stylish, heavy on storytelling games do yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Swart says, what's your most anticipated game of 2020? Cyberpunk. Elise, what are you? Uh, it's a it's a tie between Cyberpunk or Last of Us 2. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk still, I mean, if all you knew about that was CD Projekt Red is making a Cyberpunk game. Have any specifics, was, like, up I've, your excitement? I've been excited about that ever since there was that one trailer, like, cinematic trailer that was, like, 20 oh, seconds long. Like right. That, yeah. Yeah. that released the I mean, same day we were there for the Witcher 3 cover story. Oh, I thought really? that was wild. That's cool. What's that? I thought that was wild. Like, it was. It. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I regret not, because one of the features I was thinking of is like, oh, it'd be fun just to, like, get that studio's reaction. Like, you don't have to reveal anything about Cyberpunk, but just, like, a video of them, like, reading the comments when that trailer went up. And now, in retrospect, like, that would have been huge. That would have been so cool to have for all those years. I, I think seeing the E3 demo of Cyberpunk sold me on it. Where I was like, It feels too, like yeah. a marriage of immersive sim and RPG and a yeah. sci-fi Cyberpunk city, and that's what I want. That's one of my dream games. Right. And if I can pull that off, and I probably can. I think they can, yeah. yeah. Like, the... 
The Witcher never really clicked with me, and so I was always interested in cyberpunk after they announced it because, you know, I like sci-fi more and yeah. stuff. But it yeah. was it was when I saw the demo that it was like, okay, like they're they're actually pulling this off. It seems like, and yeah. so that's I'm, when I got. I'm really also excited. like I've always been a fan of RPGs and modern settings. And there isn't, and, and I always, I dug cyberpunk for so long, and I, we don't see it that much in like modern games, especially. Yeah. And I, I and I think like seeing that again, com- having that comeback is really cool. Um, and yeah, just like so many RPGs take place in fantasy settings or medieval settings, and I, and it starts to feel like the same thing over and over again. It, it definitely. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So I'm just happy whenever like I see this cool take on like modern society or futuristic society. It definitely feels like there's been a drought of sci- of great good to great sci-fi RPG since Mass Effect 3. Yeah. Like Andromeda was a huge bummer for me because because yeah. of that. Like that game came out and I just all they had to do was make something that was like compelling and fun in a sci-fi setting with RPG stuff and it just was not good. Yeah. You know. Uh we should mention though Hanson that unfortunately at least we canceled the last of us 2 last week. We did, actually, yeah, in the community. No! Uh, Levi has a related question. Have any of you watched The Witcher show yet? Yeah, yeah. we did last night. Oh, yeah, wow. Jamie and I watched it. Okay, Levi says, even with its dark and grim world, I think it's the lore I love the most and would love to live in. If you could, oh. Anyways, what do you think about The Witcher? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, love it. Yeah, I love it so far. It's really interesting because I was talking with some folks uh, who hadn't, who weren't connected to the books or, you know, hadn't read the books or played the games. Yeah. And Audrey, you know, she, my partner, she's watched me play a little bit of The Witcher, but she hasn't, like, played the games herself or yeah. read the books. And so, like, what she said and what some other folks have said is, like, it's really hard to follow, you know, what's going on if you haven't read the books or watched, you know, or played the games. Does it get that deep into, like, the it, nation? It gets pretty, it's pretty deep in lore, like, though. Like, they don't really? explain in the first episode, like, it's clear that the witches are pretty important, um, but you, you don't know, really know what's happening or why it's happening. Unless you've played like, the game. Yeah. Okay. They, 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 they don't do a, a great job of explaining the world. Um, so, but yeah, it definitely feels like a show that's been made with the gamer anxiety of but, like, oh my God, is this going to be authentic? Well, it's weird because it's based on the books and not the games, correct? Right, but like... So the games are so authentic to the books. Like, yeah. they're literally, like, sequels to the books. But the stuff like, you know, the shot of Geralt in the tub and stuff. Like, they're very cheekily tying and into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he based his, like, voice on, like, the game actor. Oh, really? Yeah, like, he sounds pretty 1-1. Like, very, it's not bad. Like, it sounds good. Perfect job with the gravelly voice. And, like, really? even the way oh, he yeah. walks, like, looks like Geralt walking and in the game. We, like, we were, we were on his shoulders and stuff. We were on? noticing, like, even during fighting sequences, like, there there are certain, um, like, the ways that he would turn his sword or uh, even, even the spells he'd use and stuff, yeah, so yeah. they looked like animations from the game. The decapitation animation finishers the same in the show. Yeah. Just like, it's just stuff like that. It's fun. Very fun subtle, little tie-ins yeah. like that. Um, That's cool. That's so, yeah. You're going to stick with it. Yeah, So, it, but it's one of those things where it's like I can't tell if, like, this is actually – because let's see some other people who are like, I'm not really into this, where, like, I'm so into it because it's the first piece of, like, video game media in a long time, like, adaptation where it's like, oh, man, they clearly, like, took a lot. Yeah. And it's just, like, really – 
put together well. Like, if I came to the show outside of that, I don't know if I'd love it as much. Yeah, I'm curious to check it out. I, I think it, it, it handles, like, backstories of characters that I really love uh, very well. Yeah, so. there it is. Uh, Sutton, this is why I like uh, community emails and questions, I should say. Because people submit stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, that's just a good gamer-ass question that I never mm. would have thought of asking. Sutton says, in third-person games, do you prefer the camera to be over the character's left or right shoulder? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I like Characters. Wait, really? Like, this shoulder, right? Like, we're from the back, and this shoulder? Yeah, so for me, it's actually camera over the left. So the character's on the right side of the screen. You're saying oh, you actually, want no, the character right. on the left? You're right. I'm with Hanson. Yeah. I, I, I want the other right. way around. Really? Yeah, left, left side. Yeah. So like on Control or Resident Evil 4, any of those games, you'll do that swap? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is I like the ability to switch back and forth. How often do you do that, though? Whenever you come to the corner that's on the wrong, where the camera's on the wrong side. Yeah. Like, there are definitely times when it's like you're trying to peek around a corner corner or aim, but you need the camera boosted to the other side. Yeah. I think Sutton, you know, it's a good question, but he's yeah. not asking the right question. The right mm-hmm. question is, why is first person the best way to play video games? Is this your new think piece? Oh, boy. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> boy. I choose not to think about that. Uh, Travis Manick has another humdinger saying, hey, is Hook a good movie? Yeah. Yeah, back off, Internet. It was one of the saddest moments of my life when I looked up Rotten Tomato score for Hook, and it's like negative 4%. And then actually in the reviews it said, your childhood was wrong, Ben Hansen, which I thought. Was yeah, really <laughs> it's like the Boston Globe say, flipping you off. Yeah. But even our Lord and Savior, uh, Steven Spielberg, he bashes Hook more than any other film in his history, more than like 1941 or something. Hook rules. The soundtrack to Hook, I argue, top one of John Williams' best mm, chords of all time. That soundtrack of... is amazing. Uh, but what Spielberg says about Hook is that, and thank you for writing in about this, man, is he talks about like the set design. He's like, I had such a great idea in mind, and then the sets, I feel like, didn't really pull it off. It's weird that he's throwing like, you know, the set, set designer, designer under, under the, the bus. bus. But, like, I get it when you look at that movie. It is a little bit like a Lost Boys home. And, like, it feels like a soundstage. Uh-huh. You know, they're on their roller things going around. But to be fair, I haven't watched the movie its entirety for a while. But I watched a chunk in a hotel room with Joe Juba, like, two years ago. <laughs> and was, like, blown away by how much fun it was. And you also yell bangerang as you run around the studio all the time, too. That's correct. Right? Yeah, right before. Yeah. I give, like, the countdown before we go live with mm-hmm. streaming and then yell bangerang. Yeah. That's why we always look so confused when I, whenever a stream starts. <laughs> I felt bad when, this is semi-related, when Surreal joined the office because we went out, and this was back when I was drinking, I got drunk, and for whatever reason, I started chanting Surreal's name like Rufio. Of course. Surreal. Surreal. I'm sure he loved that. He adores it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, uh, we call game clubs the deepest dives over here. Uh We're in the Outer Worlds, your your favorite. Um, And we're talking about the deal, like, oh, we could do this for things outside of games. Yeah. And one idea that I had written down was like, you know, be a fun deepest dive. Hook? No, Peter Pan. Do every mm. Peter Pan story, every adaptation. Because there's been like weird TV versions of Peter Pan that I wanted to watch and haven't. But I would love to go back and read that original book. Like, there's just a world that like everybody knows would be fun to just like know everything about it. Isn't mm. Peter Pan up there? Okay. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of inspiration from Peter Pan, certain bits of Peter Pan and everything, right? Yeah. Like, fantasy stuff. I really want to see that pan movie that just got critically panned. I watched on a flight. Is it bad? Very bad. <laughs> it's just, you know, classic, like, oh, they spent a ton of money on this movie, and, and for what? Hugh Jackman's 
hook or a bad pirate or something? I'm trying to remember. He looks real bad. He's somebody in the film. There's no doubt about it. Um, do you like Peter Pan, Elise? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent towards it. Indifferent towards the pan. Fine. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> So you can fly and you can fight, but can you crow, Elise? That's what I've been wondering. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Tom Blackburn says, hello, Midmax crew. Uh, You were right, raving about the Watchmen series. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We made it. So why aren't those video games any good? And does the Watchmen IP have any shot of having a good game? No. I would never want a Watchmen. I mean, it seems like the kind of game that's doomed to get an episodic treatment at some point. With Telltale gone, though? Telltale. I mean, new Telltale. Who knows what the... Yeah, how do you feel about the Wolf Among Us thing? I'm... I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I think uh, Telltale employees got screwed over. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately that's, that's how I feel the, about that. That's the thing. Like, I didn't even realize during the Game Awards that Telltale... Like, it didn't click up with me. It was like, oh, no, Telltale's actually involved in this. And I, it feels kind of weird. It feels yeah. weird. Like, I don't know. Like, I... I wanted a sequel to The Wolf Among Us. It's it's weird territory. Yeah, I, I still feel kind of icky rough. about it. And yeah, I think I a lot of ex-Telltale people feel icky themselves about it. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah you wrote that big feature about I did. It's one of your best pieces. It's wow. really good. Thank you. Go. That's on GameFormer.com, isn't it? It is. Can you tell people what to Google if you want to read it? The Rise and Fall of Telltale Games. There it is. And it's on GameFormer.com, yeah. Uh, as for Watchmen... Yeah, I just think that show does such a remarkable job of going for something new and not just being, you know, a slave to the past. I think it's really interesting overall. And maybe this is, I should be more generous towards people in the game industry, but I just feel like I don't know if any game company could do Watchmen justice the level that that show did. Oh, it's just Disco Elysium developers. <laughs> then, yeah. okay. I, would play, I would play a Watchmen game by the folks who made Disco Elysium because I think that is what that IP would need to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so looking at this, so Watchmen The End Is Nigh is a 2009 episodic video game series developed by the Danish developer Deadline Games. That's a terrible combat game, right? I think so. It's the beat-em-up that was not good. Yeah. Uh, ooh, it scored a B-minus from one up. Okay, Giant Bomb, not, oh, Giant Bomb gave it two stars out of five. I would like to check it out. I think it would be it's a fun one just to play like a one-off thing like, to look at. It is a game that definitely feels like a beat-em-up. Super superhero comic beat him up before Arkham Asylum. Right, like, different era. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tony Arlington says, "Hey, what type of huggers are you?" Hanson admitted in the Discord that he was a pickup hugger, and some of us had a debate about the rest of the crew. I have a feeling that Serial is averse to hugs, but secretly wants one. Serial <laughs> is not I averse to one last episode. That's yeah, true. Sorry, I think like he, down, he liked it. Kyle, no, trust me, he liked it. And look, with Kyle not at this table, I don't think he's a big hugger. He says he hugs his family a lot, but I think yeah, I don't we don't have any proof like, of that. I'm, yeah. sure. I'm a long distance hugger. Like I, I grasp people from afar and just do that. I don't like hugs. Oh, from that's afar, you don't like hugs. I, I don't initiate hugs that much. I, I prefer like when other I, don't, I prefer when other people initiate hugs. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I think we've hugged like four times I in don't total. Really, I don't. I'm not a huge hugger. What yeah. do you think it is? Is it just upbringing? I, I I think a little bit. My yeah. mom is not a hugger, mm. so I think I get that from her. Yeah, I had a weird thing where uh, I went to like a Thanksgiving party. It'll remain nameless. And I got there and I was like, "Oh, hey, good to see you." And I was like going around and hugging people. And I hugged somebody that I've known for years and years and years, but I guess I've never hugged them. And everybody was like, "What are you doing?" Like she does not like to be hugged. And I was like, "This weird thing." I'm like, I I've never considered that. Like I I understand it was like a stranger. 
But right. like somebody that I've known for like six years, it's like, yeah, it's just a hug. I, I mean, I don't mind when someone hugs me. I'm just like, it's not my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. It's just not something I about, initiate that yeah. much, but I, I don't really care. I did that with my uncle once who's probably in his 60s, yeah. and it was at a, some kind of family gathering, and he, we came up, and he put his hand out, and I sidestepped that hand and went right in for the hug because it's like, you're my uncle. Yeah, that's a little like, weird. I know you my entire life, yeah. obviously. Right. You know, like, you're not getting a handshake from me. That's for strangers. We're family. <laughs> Tony says that Jeff gives warm, lingering hugs. That's right. There was, <laughs> there was a whole discussion in the Discord because you posted that creepy picture of me. Like, <laughs> that's, like, that's the look you do right before you hug people, which is true. <laughs> Just ask my uncle. That is true. Uh, Chris Bartlett says uh, the new... DLC for Borderlands 3 has a mission that takes place in an impound lot, and it makes a classic joke of, hey, look how long it takes to get anything done in these government buildings. It reminded me of a similar quest in the Outer Worlds, no offense, JV, that had you trying to pick up a package at the post office in Byzantium. I think it's a mildly funny joke, but I'm already pretty sick of it with these two examples. <laughs> so my question is, where's the most tired joke or gag mm. in video games? I think it's video games, but then also movies. I'm done with elevator music jokes. I cannot handle it anymore. And it's it's much more often in TV shows or movies, but, like, even shows or movies that I respect, when they go for that, like, harsh cut to quiet, awkward elevator music, yeah, we get it, elevator rides, we got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Nathan Drake trademark, not good, not good, not good, yes. When things mm-hmm. are falling apart or whatever. So I thought of Uncharted 2, and, like, so many games I think are inspired by Uncharted at this point, too. Like, that joke, too, of just, like, the... Oh, don't worry, we're safe. And then, oh, not safe! Like, yeah, yeah sure. over and over again. I bet you love Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my big one, which I have paid from the very first time I saw it, is when games tell you, like, when they make fun of their own stupid design, where it's like, oh, another fetch quest. 100%. Like, don't yeah. do it. I remember, and don't try and joke it off yeah. as, like, an excuse for doing it. I hate when people joke off. Absolutely. Like, I remember when we did the Uncharted 4 game club, weren't mm. you guys? Were you a part of that? Was that before your time? No, it wasn't before our time, but okay. I was not part of that. Well, okay. But in that one, like, it cemented that. this idea, and Naughty Dog does it a lot, like, in Lost Legacy as well. But I think the writing... It's such a weird thing to explain, but I, I'm in love with this idea. But, like, the writing is more honest than the gameplay, and it's, like, this weird disconnect where to be honest with these characters and to make them believable, they're now forced to comment on the gameplay. So it's just a lot of, like, oh, another wave of enemies? I thought we were done with these guys. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. that exact thing. of Like, oh, another fetch quest? It's like, clearly there's a problem here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You, you knew it was frustrating, and you're just trying to paper over it with... A joke that's only pointing out and making me focus more on this frustrating thing that I have to do. Right. The only variation of that I've ever come close to liking and was still annoyed with is in, I think it's in Blood and Wine expansion for The Witcher 3 or maybe the one before that where you have to go and, like, to collect your inheritance, you basically have to go to a bunch of, like, desks and a bank and just fill out paperwork and stand in line and hear Geralt go, uh, and yeah. just have very human, like, complaints for a little bit. I think that's right. the only time that's ever worked for me. There, there's there's a fun twist in Minute, too, actually. Oh, right. To, to just standing in line. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you ever play Bureaucracy, the Douglas Adams text adventure? No, I know what you're talking about, but I never played it. I've been wanting to play it my entire life because I love the History of the Galaxy text adventure. Mm-hmm. And in Bureaucracy, the entire point is 
it's just a character trying to change their mailing address. <laughs> and it's just like descends into like this calamity in the world. That's what Adam's stuff. experience. Yes, exactly. But I think it'd be super fun to try and play that as like a radio play at some point uh, yeah. in Max. Um, Bob Buell, staying negative, thank God, he says, simple question to the computer-loving cohorts. Uh, what's the absolute worst thing about your absolute favorite game ever? Uh, Mass Effect 2, the baby boss at the end. The space <laughs> baby. Baby, boss. baby boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I the love that game. Boss, baby. Yeah, and it doesn't annoy me, but, like, that's easily the worst thing. Worse than scanning mm. the planets? Yeah, I don't mind scanning the planets. I think that's pretty chill. I think, I've got, I think I've got two things for The Witcher 3. Ooh. My favorite game ever. Oh, wow. Um, the first thing would be the combat, which I think could have been way more polished. The second thing is, uh, I feel like it overuses that whole, like, Batman detective, like, Vision. feature where right. you're just looking around for, you know, footprints and paths and things. Um, it's just done a lot. Yeah. Could have done without it, but mm. everything else in that game is perfect. That's why whenever I play through that game, I just set everything to easy, and Geralt sure. just flashes everyone to bits. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, the combat's kind of a pain. So. If I'm thinking about like replaying my favorite game, like what would be the thing I would dread the most? And it's like, okay, Shadow the Colossus and Final Fantasy VII are like up there. It always flips back and forth. If you include nostalgia or not for my favorite game, but like. Shadow of the Colossus, I think it's, like, the mm-hmm. horse thing. Getting the horse, I think it's the fourth Colossus, to, like, bend down mm-hmm. uh, and, like, look at the those, thing. Some of those controls from the original Yeah, well, the original, are, sure. I yeah. are, are rough. with the serpent and the water. Oh, oh, really? I mean, I know it's a cool spectacle, but it's really a pain. So the one you have to, like, grab. jump on top and, like, bang the thing? Yeah. You mean the one that you have to, like, grab as it goes underwater? Yeah, that one. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I think you're talking about the other, the other one. Yeah, I mean, water. it's really cool from an outside perspective when you think about it. And you're like, oh, man, I just did that, and that was wild. But, like, yeah. the mechanics of, like, it's, making it's it It's kind of tedious, yeah, yeah. gameplay-wise. Yeah. Uh, or in Prophecy 7, I think of after the snowboarding sequence, on the second disc, then, like, when you get lost in the snow. I think that's the part that I would dread the most going mm-hmm. back to. Uh, mine, my favorite game is Tetris, so there's not much <laughs> wrong with that. I, I mean, if it's a bad version of it, then there are stupid control things. But uh-huh. I, I think a runner-up would be Link to the Past, which is when you get down to too low health, they have the beeping, but it just oh, goes Oh, my God, on. yes. I get it, man. That, that's, like, that's a I product love, of its age, you know. that but, game, but, oh, yeah, that was yeah. so annoying. Yeah. Uh, Rory Steeler, friend of the show, Rory Sorkidor himself, he says, do you foresee MinMax content creating documentaries like The Secret History of Volition? Apparently Rory really liked that video at Game Informer. Um, yeah, I would love to do more dev stuff and documentary stuff. Hopefully in 2020 we can have a big splash when we, uh, when we launch that. But it's just a matter of, I think it'll be nice to be out of, like, the crazy crunch zone of games and just try and get a better feel for, like, what level of content output mm-hmm. is sustainable for MinMax and stuff. Right? Yeah, you guys did a good job of, like, lifting off during the busiest time of the year. Like, having to do that, I do not envy you, because it was, like, what? September, October? October 23rd. Yeah. 24th oh, my God. That's, like, the week that yeah. everything comes out. It was. Yeah, yeah you guys did a really good job. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a conscious choice on our part. <laughs> <laughs> Grizzle Gaming says uh, this time of year is getting is about getting better in self-reflection. That said, who has been the most influential person in your career up to this point? Matt Burt. Oh, yay. I was just about to say that. You, I mean, you, you did only that one of you can plagiarism again. Stop Pop doing that. <laughs> um, no, I think Matt Burt's, uh he's former managing editor, game informer. Yeah. Uh, he was just, I don't think I've ever had a boss that managed to balance being a friend who genuinely cares about me as a person, mm-hmm. but also someone who wants me professionally to be better. Right. And he walked, like, that fine line really well. 
Uh, he fought the, the battles alongside me that were like worth fighting, and then yeah, he's just a great he's he, just a great person. He had your back in yeah. like really tough situations um, when it sometimes felt like no one else had your back. Yeah. Um, right, and he would take me to task too, and like. I screwed up something or I wasn't mm-hmm. doing something as well as I could have, he'd be like, okay, look, this is what we need to do. And yeah. it's very yeah. important to have that. And also it's been a, because I've had to do that, I've had to be on that end of the thing or that side of things before too. So it was also like good instruction on how to uh, to be that person, you right. know, to get bad news or whatever. He's, he's great. He's just he, a good person. He is really easy to talk to and um, – I think as someone who had, like, a lot of health issues or has a lot of health issues, like, it was always – he he was always really good about listening and, and trying to understand. Mm-hmm. And he also just – in terms of his work, he is a really fantastic editor. He's a really good writer. And I think I looked up to him. Even as an intern, I looked up to him. And then I think – I think I look at my career and how far I've come, and I think so much – I. I I don't want to say I owe anything, but I think it's it's thanks to a lot with with Bert's believing in me. Wow! I mean, he hired me before I even had like a degree. I, I was working for Montreal, and I was still right. working on that journalism degree before I moved. Right? Yeah. So I think like he saw something in me, and he the, it was like a leap of faith a little bit, and um, and ever since then, I mean. I still talk to Bert's regularly, yeah. and he's still like a mentor in a way, uh, and and uh, and a friend, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it feels yeah. different now. I feel like Bert's is more like we're friends and we play games and stuff. But he's like a cheerleader in the background, going, "Hey, yeah, do this. You can do this. You got right. this." You're he great. is so proud. He's like office dad, and and he, he will always have that. Um, that title in my head, I think. Yeah, I don't, no, even though we're not in the same office. He's definitely anymore. office dad. <laughs> but yeah. he's so proud. I remember he he came and visited in in DC. Uh, he he was there for for uh, a consultation gig he was doing, and mm-hmm. and we met up. And I saw I just saw it in his face right away of just like how proud he was. Oh yeah, and, and I and I love that. It made me feel really good. <laughs> he's such a good dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, not to plug a Patreon, but hey, I'd argue this week, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, there might be an exclusive uh, discussion with one Matt Burst, uh, which is nice. It's like it's fun to like take notes. I'm like, yeah, what do I want to ask Burst more than anything else? And so we get into some He's things. also just been in the industry for a long time. Right, so right. So you get some writing advice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, we bring up something that we argued about more than anything else. Like, when I think of, like, era with Matt Burt's, like, Game Informer, it's like, oh, there's that one thing where every six months we'd argue about this, and it would drive me insane. It's just not so much. So we unpack it all uh, right. in, a, in an upcoming uh, video yeah. and audio thing. Uh, I would also say Burt's. Really? Well, yeah. And, and <laughs> it, it was the same kind of thing. I have another answer that I will get to in a second, yeah. but I want to say that it's it's also that thing where whenever you had a, a cover story or a big feature like, he would be the one to do the first pass on that, and that was always just terrifying because you knew he would not hold back, but then it always felt so good when, you know, you'd do edits or whatever, and he'd be like, yep, I pushed it through. It was, right. Oh, because it went through the fire. As soon yeah. as you get that yeah. thumbs up of it's, got, it's been pushed through, you're like, okay, this yeah. is the best it can and, be. And right. it was, yeah, it was, it, was that, it was that not only are you done having to work on it, but at that point you knew for sure it was good. Yeah. And yeah. There, was, there was also another... Another feature, uh, I think it was E3, I had to do like a summary of the entire E3 or, or whatever, and the 
the assignment on it was very wishy-washy, and so mm-hmm. I kind of just wrote it as, like, these bite-sized, very sarcastic things that I put together yeah. and turned it in. And he was a big fan, but there was a, it was a, an extended conversation with production and everything of, like, oh, we don't know if it's going to work. How are we going to get it through? And he was the one back in the bullpen just, like, we got to do it this way. Like, I don't, like, I'm really happy with how Jeff and put this together. I don't want to have yeah. to re-edit it or anything. And he was, like, the biggest champion for that, and that, mm-hmm. that always felt super good. The other person I wanted to call out, because we've talked about Bert so much, is Joe Oh yeah, Joe is huge fantastic. Just Joe in terms of figuring out how to write reviews and stuff. Yes, yeah. and he, what, was, what? he was another one who he would always make. He would you know find any of the little holes in your in your reviews, which is especially important with reviews because especially people, like people yeah love yeah. poking those holes, and mm-hmm. so he would he would figure that out. And in terms of getting stuff cut down and and just kind of all of those procedural things, he I always and there were. Again, there were times when it was like, I don't know how I'm going to cut this down. I can't cut this down. And then you finally get through it, and it's like, oh, yeah, the review is so much better because of the work that Joe had me put mm-hmm. in. Joe always pushed you to be your best, even at, like, the cost of, like, you being annoyed with him. You right. know, like, I always felt... Which would happen a lot. Yeah. yeah. I always felt like I was, like, defending a thesis whenever I turned a review into him of, like, going before a board who would, like, know every weak point. And, like, every review that came out, the right. of him, like, was better for it. It's like your work is put on this pedestal, and then you have you and Joe, like, having this big debate mm-hmm. about, you know, its content and your arguments. And, and, and Joe's wearing your toga, of course. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, you're thankful. But, like, I remember talking to several editors who were like, F this. Like, I'm so frustrated. Go oh, this there were yeah, no, over absolutely and over points yeah. that are very Yeah, no, I've been pissed at uh, Joe over reviews probably more than any other editor over, like, work stuff. But right. he, was, he was pretty much always right. And, like, the review was always better for it. I mean, and I got over being pissy. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, yeah. And there there are still things that I would disagree with that about about those, about those reviews and stuff. But yeah. that was, you know, Joe making sure everything fit the way that Game Informer did reviews. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so some, yeah. sometimes, you know, things would fall out of the boundary of that. And, you know, we would all have legitimate arguments for why we like the way that the review was structured or whatever. But it always made sense for the for fitting into game form. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you um? Did you guys watch that Mr. Rogers documentary? I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's like well, there's a new narrative oh, movie, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, sorry, I saw it. But the yeah. documentary, like, mm-hmm. there's an amazing bit where it's Mr. Rogers, and I believe he's at the Emmys, where he's on stage and he's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna do an impersonation," but he's like, "Hey, <laughs> I just want to take this time on stage." And uh, he asked for a minute apparently, but he only got ten seconds. Mm-hmm. But he's like, "I just want to take ten seconds, and everyone just be quiet." During this television broadcast in this entire auditorium, he's like, I want everyone to take 10 seconds and think about, like, the people that got you to where you are right now and just give them, give them some thanks in your mind, right? And it was 10 seconds, and it's amazing because it's cutting the people in the crowd bawling. Yeah. Like, that's all he has to say, and it's yeah. so sweet that, like, this question from Grizzle Gaming, it's like the same effect, right? It's like, oh, my God. Turns yeah. out it takes a lot of people to get everybody where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyways, um, Okay. You can take the 10 seconds after this show, because we're not the Emmys. we yeah, got to keep yeah. moving. Uh, Hans Kleinenberg says, why are the Game Awards not at the start of the year? <laughs> I can literally think of no reason. <laughs> I was there, and it was very interesting to see people, like, frustrated with Jedi not being on there. Yeah. Because it missed the voting deadline, because it came out in November. Well, the deadline was November 15th, which was interesting, because Pokemon was not 
also on there. And it's like, well, that released the 15th, but I guess it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is weird, because that meant, like, Smash Brothers was the Game of the Year nominee this year. Yes. Um, so it's a thing people definitely talk, because I know we've always talked about it when we were at Game Informer. Like, why are they doing it like this? Yeah. And just as many people talk about it down on the ground when, when you're, they're there. So other than just... I, I, I'm trying to think. Other than just, like, this is the time when the industry talks about it, most likely because they want to prep the content before they go out on vacation and Christmas break. I mean, so, I, I think that's probably, like, the Game Awards needs to prep all that content, like video stuff, you know, so they have to get the deadlines in by then. Cause, you know, that's but why not do it at the start of the year, though? You know? Is it just I, so that it doesn't seem outdated? I think I so. Yeah. And we had that conversation about something or other here where it's like, uh, you know, you get – a week or two into January, and it, you're you just feel like you're behind everything else. You're right. behind with the conversation. Yeah. Everyone's having that conversation now. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess you want to. Yeah, because that be part of also that. means like that show like needs ad dollars. So I'm imagining it's a much dicier proposition mm-hmm. pitching that to advertisers in right. January and February when the conversation has already passed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Lewis King has a very timely question. He says, hey, why in It's a Wonderful Life is Mary wearing glasses, an ice cardigan, and going to the library, one half of which George admits to doing earlier in the film, the worst possible fate for her? It really makes me think. Compared to a few other people in George's life, I felt like Mary really got out all right, and Capra phoned that one in a bit. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's a bad call from Frank Capra. Very, very good seasonal question. <laughs> I, I love It's a Wonderful Life. I remember when yeah. I interviewed Jeff Goldblum, which was weird, last year. Um, before we started rolling, Jeff Goldblum, he just did not stop, like, quoting movies. And then going, like, who said this? Uh, what's this from? What's this from? Ooh, remember this. Ooh, my lips bleeding Bert. My lips bleeding Bert. And I remember, like, hey, that's from It's a Wonderful Life. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, It's a Wonderful Life. Frank Capra, 1941. Whatever the hell. Like, wow, okay. Are you watching the documentary series? The Disney, the Disney one? one? It's too much. I, I think I'm Goldblumed out. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're good. My sister, like, he always sends me articles about Goldblum, thinking that we're, like, best buds, and it's like, I, I'm good on him. <laughs> I watched his gaming episode, and it was like, it's about what you expect from, you know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. esports are worth how much? Yeah. Okay, okay, I got it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I read Frank Capra's autobiography, and it was a lot of him, like, kissing his own ass and talking about what a genius he was, which is fine. Um, but he claims that he invented the teleprompter in that autobiography, and it always stood out to me because he said he was filming, like, a documentary series, the Lively Fight series, I believe, um, during World War II, and he was filming something with Vincent Churchill, and he said that, like, Winston Churchill couldn't get his lines right. You know, that's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he ran and cobbled something together, which became the teleprompter. But Oh, wow. I don't know if that's actually true. But that's oh, what yeah. he wrote anyway. That is interesting. And, Jade, if you're wondering why it smells like the room's on fire, um, the candle went out. Okay, so nothing's melting down. Yeah, I was wondering if there's that computer down there. I was like, is this going to explode in my bed? <laughs> Things are a bit rickety, you know? Um, okay, Brady E. Sure. He says, hey, you've just gained one-time ability, the one-time ability to make one type of thing either larger or smaller. You pick the item, you pick the size. Want cats the size of horses? You can do this. Is baby corn not small enough for you? Shrink them. How about apples just slightly larger so as to be just a bit more filling? Yum. The choice is all yours. But remember, you can only change one type of thing. I like the idea that you would waste that on corn or apples. <laughs> Shrinking baby corn is a very funny idea. I would make idea. gold bigger. But wouldn't that just the economy would scale to that? It doesn't matter. Not for me. Your private collection yeah. of gold. How much gold you got in your house? 
And what's your address? Well, none, but I would get gold. <laughs> okay. Right. I would go out, buy one gold ring, make it huge, pop it up. How there big? There you go. I, I have to choose that. Yes, I, I would make it this big. He's uh, making about, I don't know. Like a hula hoop size. Like, yeah. Right. Still still small enough to hide in a house or something. Where are you going to hide that? doesn't matter. <laughs> you just... You melt it down and you make gold bars yeah. and then flood the market. Sounds like a lot of work. And I'd be yeah. rich by the time gold goes down the curtain. You, you like rolling this giant snowball of gold to the bank. Right. Yeah. Hello, how much is this worth, ma'am? I'd make Elise's cats Aww. massive just so that'd be a new problem you for her to You already say that they're, that they're massive enough. Yeah, but, but. they'd be even bigger. <laughs> Smart. I would um, shrink the penis on Watchmen. Um, okay, next one. <laughs> you want to leave you want to share? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> you can't follow that. Victory Nub says, hey, yeah, exactly. It says, any thoughts on possibly cutting commentary tracks for the NCU Infinity Saga? I know 22 oh. movies is a large ask, but your Star Wars commentaries were a lot of fun. Thank 22 you. 22 movies. I can't do that. Also, I love uh, Blank Check, and on their Patreon, they did that for every movie, and I listened to so many of them. I wouldn't want to do that because I feel mm-hmm. like it would... I need to just repeat talking about point. Point. Too right. many bad movies to watch, too, man. A lot of those movies suck. You're wrong. <laughs> every single one is good. I think every one is... The worst MCU gets, I think, is a fine film, which is what I would put Iron Man 2 and Dark World in. All right, man. Which Incredible one Hulk? The that's early one? I think that's also a fine film. Any Iron Man that isn't Iron Man 1. You seem like you would love Iron Man 3. I hate Iron Man 3. Why are you so unpredictable? That is your movie, baby. It's just a cold, weird Shane Black film about PTSD like and anxiety attacks. Like It's fascinating. I'd rather watch, what is it, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather watch that. Of course there's movies you'd rather watch, but I would just rather use that time to watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang than okay. Iron Man 3. I've never seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I should probably fix that, right? You, you should. I think you'd like that a lot. Yeah, I probably would. Um... Let's see. Oh, here. Do you guys want to do some acting or not? Sure. Okay. At least not react. <laughs> Neil Brown writes in and says, Hey, Min Maxers and Diddly Doodats. Hello. I think you guys have been too nice recently. What is this? This is like a holiday episode, everybody. I want you to recreate the time a game pissed you off the most and have the others oh. guess what game you were playing. Oh, boy. Okay, so I'll go first. I don't know about the most, but I'll... Okay. All right. For the audio listeners... Well, I guess I'll just... This is for the video only, right? this! That was about the extent. How are we going to guess that? What game was that? Yeah, that's a terrible clue. Bloodborne. No, that was Control when it crashed. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the end box, like right towards the finale there. Mm. And the checkpoint. The control sucked. experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, does anybody yeah. else want to uh, give sure. a shot? Sure. Oh, oh. No, right. you you had to control all right. Give me that already. ten and two. Hell. Yeah. That's every game. Guys. Yeah, I yeah. know. Like, how are we supposed to guess? I mean, Blood. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Monster Hunter Iceborne. No, it was actually Dark Souls. That's the only <laughs> game I've okay. ever thrown a controller during. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'll have. I have one. Yeah. Okay. She's I like you. And I hide. I hide. I hide. Well, hide? Yeah. Why you hide? Oh, oh, uh, until dawn. There's something scary. PT. No. You're not, you're not going to guess. Maybe you will. Should I go? Should the, I say it? Yeah, what, the hiding. <laughs> it's when you encounter the first uh, large fuzzy spider in Skyrim. <laughs> okay. 
Good. Or when I had a say you. Hated those spiders. I love Skyrim. Hated that moment. All right, Jeff. Okay. Imagine I'm eight years old, <laughs> maybe six, yeah. and I'm crying <laughs> as I say this. She passes me at the finish line every time. Mario Kart. Yes. And your mommy? <laughs> she, I used, one time in particular, I had a total breakdown and cried because, because I would play with my brother, and he was really good, you know, so mm-hmm. he would be first by a mile, and because of the rubber band AI, Princess Peach would always pass <laughs> me, like, right at the finish line, yeah. and, and I would get knocked down to third place. Oh, no. And, and at one point, I finally had a breakdown. <laughs> uh, Mike Silkak says, afternoon, Ben and the Hansonauts. They didn't agree to be called that. Um, I'm interested, this is a very specific question, I'm sorry. I'm interested in getting into the RTS genre, but I'm a novice to to it at best. I think the roadblock for me is the strategy part of the title. I'm not interested in an RTS that demands chess-level strategy in combat where you win or lose by the smallest of margins. I'm more interested in managing or developing a city, society, etc., where it's more about progress than conquest. Civilization games come to mind, but I hear they can be pretty hardcore. Is there a game that comes to mind that fits this description? City Skyline? But RTS in particular. I know this is like one of those things like, yes, I have it exactly. Rise of Nations. Oh, yeah. Which is like a 2003 game. It is like a perfect blend of Age of Empires RTS series and Civilization. It's from Brian Reynolds, mm-hmm. one of the designers of Civilization. And they re-released it, and they have Rise of Nations Extended Edition on Steam. I'm guessing it's pretty cheap. I think they re-released it in like 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. It is exactly what you're looking for, Mike. Um, not too complex. It will give you some RTS thrills, but at the same time, it's just about building up a beautiful society. Cool. There we go. You could also do Tropical, Tropical series, I think, is it? That's more simmy than RTS, though, yes? I've never no, played Tropical. The origi- at least the original ones, no. It looks it's an RTS? Yeah, it looks more like an RTS. Really? Yeah, you're, well, yeah, and you're still, like, sending guys out to collect resources and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's in real time. Uh, do you guys want to close things out with some trivia? Sure. Uh, this oh, is I didn't from know those trivia. friend of the show, Blake Kibbe. He says, hey, Ben and the Maxers, uh, I listen, I think, I think we've played this before, but it's still fun. Uh, I listen to a lot of video game soundtracks. Let's see how well you know them. Ooh, I will give you okay. three tracks from a game soundtrack. You name the game. Okay. I'm so screwed. Okay, ready? Do uh, you want to buzz in and say your names? Sure. Okay. Everybody gets one guess. The gun pointed at the head of the universe. Blowhardy, but I thought we were going to listen to the music. Oh, no, no, no. This is just the title. Oh. Uh, Lament for Private Jenkins. Oh. Mass Effect. Incorrect. Three. Covenant Dance. Halo. There we yeah. go. Halo Combat Evolved. The gun pointed at the head of the universe. What sure. are they Okay, here we go. Ghost of Ratman. Turret Wife Serenade. Uh, Jeffem. Portal. Incorrect. Jamie, Portal 2. Yeah! Oh, man. <laughs> you. Yeah. Number three, the part where he kills you. That's very fun. Um, oh, this is interesting. Cycling. Hall of Fame. Evolution. Just the track names. I know. Cycling. Evolution is the biggest clue. Okay, I'll let you guys uh, think for a little bit. Cycling. 
Hall of Fame. Okay, um, maybe this will remind you. Oh, Jamie! Uh, Pokemon. There we go. Well I done. Saw, I couldn't answer because I saw <laughs> I literally had to hold up the laptop. <laughs> That's good. That's a good thinker. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Oh. Okay. All right. Number one. The Honeybee Inn. This is not the right table for this. Number two. Infiltrating Shinra. Jamie. Jamie. Final Fantasy VII. Good job. Okay, here we go. Last one. The Beast. Shrine Blessing. The Last King of Hyrule. Oh. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. JV, I like you replaced your name. Yeah. Kind of clawing your hand at the table. Very tricky. Thanks for writing in, Blake. Thanks for everybody that uh, submitted questions ahead of time for this episode of the Mexico Podcast. Um, how's it going, Elise? Good. I know you haven't really had like a microphone uh, ready to go at all times in the last several months. Is there anything you want to communicate uh, to the world? Let the folks know. Uh, you can keep following my work at the Washington Post. Okay, we have this segment on this show that we like to call "Get a Load of This." Okay, JV, do you have something yeah, that we I- should get a load of? Yeah. Uh, you got to start it by saying, get a load of this. Yeah, I'm been on the show before. I just Jeff want to make sure time. everyone understands. You're really snooty about this format, <laughs> Jeff. Um, it's very it's gotta be official. Yep. Okay. Get a load of this. The Alamo Draft House tweeted out this statistic that 21 people across the country at their theaters watched both Rise of Skywalker and Cat. Back to back. What percentage? Like 21 people. That is a, like the Alamo Draft audience is very specific. Do you think they're doing it like tongue in cheek with the cat thing? The cat's thing? I don't know. Uh, Can you imagine that experience though? Like walking out of that three hour movie and just going into something that's very horny and unpredictable. (laughs) Is it horny? It's supposed to be. People have said it's (laughs) horny. There has been reviews. That call it that. Now, yeah. as fans of cats, are you two going to go? Uh, oh, I'm going? absolutely going to see so that movie. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely so excited. Some of I'm going to have a lot of fun. It's I, bad. But. I want to see it so bad. I'm yeah. so excited. Whoa. All right. Hey, neat. Uh, Jeff, um, Yeah, get a load of this. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> my wife lost her mind this week. I'm so sorry. And she, because we had a giant pile of clothes in the bedroom for a long time, she said she's sick of it. She wants us to cut down the amount of clothes that we have, you know, out in the bedroom. And so she oh, said yeah. I should cut it down to seven pieces of clothing was the initial volley. Wait, for like in your dresser? Yeah, like like seven pieces of clothing that I would wear. What? In, yes. It's, it was insane, and that was counting pants. And I was like, there's, there's no is, way that's ever going to happen. Wow. We, you know, negotiated back and forth, got it to 15 T-shirts. Because, you know, most of it's T-shirts. We're not counting socks and underwear uh-huh. here or whatever. But so I had to go through my shirts. Didn't, still didn't get down to 15. But basically, long story short, I cut the amount of T-shirts that I had out in about half. 
Yeah. I, I didn't do the full Andy McNamara give away all my T-shirts. Yeah. But it kind of it went through the process of going through all my shirts, saying, okay, these I never wear. That's easy enough to get mm-hmm. rid of obscure, you know, video game T-shirts I would never wear anyway. Then it went to the shirts that I do wear, but I'm never really happy to. You yep. know, it's kind of laundry day kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was actually nice getting rid of those. Then it got down to the level of, okay, I wear these shirts, I like them, but do I like them enough to keep them around? Mm-hmm. And we kind of went through the entire, you know, Marie Kondo, what sparks yeah. enjoyment and stuff. And by the end, I was actually very happy. I, I was happy that we went through it, and I I did feel much better about getting rid of stuff. And I will point out, yes. JV, this one made the cut. Yeah. I'm still wearing this I, one. Heck yeah. I got that, like, Christmas like three years ago or two years ago. Yeah, it's like a Jurassic Park Horizon Zero Dawn yeah, mashup. Red bubble. JV, this is this was a fascinating little moment in your time at Game Informer because, yeah, one person just bought everybody presents. Yeah, yeah like, he got every like single a, person a gift. Yeah, did you have like a gift certificate? No. You just spent a ton of money buying there everybody? It wasn't that much money. Oh, really? It was like $120. Like for everybody in the, in yeah. the office, it's not bad. I was very impressed. Yeah. Um, very sweet. Tell me where this lands on the jerk scale. I think it's high up there, but it should be fine. You gave me a wonderful Metagross Solid mug. That you put the auction thing? Yeah, I didn't know that. I was like... We had Metagross Solid themed auction. I'm not, I'm not upset life. about it, because like, okay. we're not drinking out of it or whatever, yeah. and like we can get that as like something that gets people to give money to charity. Then why not, right? Yeah, I was amused. I was okay. not upset. <laughs> I would be slightly annoyed if I was Gave it away. I did not give your shirt away, JV, and I love it, and I wear it all the time still. I mean, you're already higher on my list. Than <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, but anyway, long. the main point is, you know, it's the end of the year, New yeah. Year's starting. Go ahead and challenge yourself to try and minimize those right. kind of things. Yeah, we had to do that before we moved in together. Audrey and I, like, got rid of a bunch of clothing for both of us, and it, it does feel nice to not, like, have all that extra stuff lying around. Mm-hmm. It oh, becomes yeah. a weird burden of, oh, of just like, just like well, I might wear this one day, so yeah. I should you keep never it around. Yeah. Years go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so bad with that stuff. I'm a total. You were terrible with that stuff. And you just yeah. moved, but you kept all your stuff. I, I didn't even. I, I I got rid of a lot, but not enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Thank you for your there contribution you to yep. get a little laundry. We appreciate it. Get a load uh, of as always. always. Okay, so get a load of this. From there. Um, there is this really funny tweet. It's also about the Cats movie. Um, sorry. We're very excited about it. But I am so excited about it. It's basically, uh, it compiles all these different quotes, um, from different outlets, uh, talking about the Cats movie and their reviews. (laughs) So the Boston Globe was, my eyes are burning. Oh, God, my eyes. And then there's uh, the L.A. Times that says, Cats is both a horror and an endurance test. And then my favorite from the beat is, Cats is the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs. (laughs) (laughs) The Boston Globe would make me want to see that movie. It's so funny. Do you feel like film writers with their headlines and, like, reviewers, I feel like they're hammier than even game writers, aren't they? Oh, they're so witty. They're good stuff. I feel like film critics are kind of, more entertainingly dickish 
than mm-hmm. game as someone who's been a games writer, right. games writer. Like right. they go out of their way to my, make the headline entertaining, even if it's a bit mean. And they've been around longer, so that's just the future of all game headlines as well. It's just, just sensational. People thing. trying to like one up each other. On I mean, it already kind of is that. Like, to that headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Apparently, there's a documentary about creating Jedi Fallen Order. Like, I just saw Mitchie D uh, oh, tweeted neat. out, which was amazing, but it's called Built by Jedi, and it's in the deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. It's also been ripped and put on YouTube, which is where I watched it. Um, but it's solid, and I, just, I love the idea of developers creating long-form documentaries showing the creation of the game, and, like, I wonder how much of it comes from Stig, who's the creative director on that project, coming from the God of War team. And, like, right. God of War has done an amazing job of showing behind the scenes Raising with every creative. single... Yeah, well, that, but then even going back with the PS2 games. Like, they would release documentaries yeah. on that as well. But just, I love that idea of, like, well, if a developer gets that ball rolling and it's uncomfortable to create a documentary about the process, but now that that's rolling, like, now it has a great legacy. Now we get to see a Star Wars mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like games are finally reaching the point where, like, the mysticism behind them, like, there's actually a profitable enterprise there to sort of unveiling that. Like, Insomniac is literally putting out the script for uh, Spider-Man. You can buy it. The video game script. That's great. I love that. They announced that this week. So what does that look like? That's the thing, right? Like, what does that look like? Like, I don't know what that looks like. I'm going to buy that just to see it. I 100% buy that. And and you got to give extra tip of the cap for the companies that do that when they have to work with a company like Marvel or with Star Wars. Like, that is an Mm -hmm. extra legal hassle they have to go through to be transparent. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure in addition to, you know, the profit angle, like, if you're on that team or, you know, like, had a major impact on it, it must just be so nice to just, like, you know, like, catalog that and archive it and have it so that you can look back, you know? Yeah. Instead of, it's like, instead of taking pictures and, you know, trying to remember something that way, like, you have this amazing movie that you can go back to and yeah. show your kids someday. Yeah, right? I think, and I think, like, publications and publishers and stuff are starting to realize that people are actively interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, one of the weird things is part of my job, like, a story came out recently where with the Outer Worlds with, you know, someone talking about all the loopholes they had to go through to fix a bug that people were going through. And it was, like, a 20-tweet thread. Awesome. And, like, Polygon, IGN, a bunch of places reported on it. And people were like, oh, man, this is super interesting. So I feel like we are going to see more of that. Yeah. You know, sort of thing of, like, here's, like, the magic of making games. It's not unmagic, you know, unmystified. Yeah, you know, for because sure. Tons of people do that with film. People buy, like, behind-the-scenes, you know, books and stuff all the yeah, time about their favorite movies. I would love more of that. I love... I <laughs> but also, also because, like, studios, from one studio to the next, they all do it differently. They different. all have different mm-hmm. methods. And so, I mean, especially when it comes to games writing, I'd be fascinated I, yeah. to see the kind of inside look of I that. I would pay an ungodly amount of money uh, to get a behind-the-scenes, like, in-depth book about the making of Mass Effect 2. 100%, and it should be done. And, like, I, t- I was talking to Frank Cifaldi not too long ago with, you know, Video Game History Foundation, um, and he was talking about, like, it's just so frustrating, and I hadn't really thought about this directly, but, like, going to bookstores, there are so many books about the creation of films and, like, autobiographies from the world of film, and then you go to the video game section, and it's, not hey, fair. how to get ahead in Fortnite, and it's just like, oh, my God. The most frustrating thing... To me, and this isn't like I'm, I'm not shitting on limited run or anything yeah. here, but the idea of like a special edition for a video game is you get swag with it, right? Whereas for movies, Criterion stuff 
here's essays, here's how this game was made. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, here's how this movie was made over the years, here's the reception towards mm-hmm. it, you know, here's how they restored it. That's what video game special editions should be, especially for older games. That's what I want. I want right. video game criterions. Yes. Or that even so cool. Yeah, in the, in the book world, too, I just want more autobiographies from the video game oh, industry. Yeah. Like, when I got to interview Mark Cerny, that was, like, the first thing I asked. Like, will you please write a book someday? And everybody, they don't give credit to their own importance to the entire media. Somebody like Mark Cerny has had one of the wildest careers, and he's one of the smartest guys in the industry by a mile, right? And he's just like, oh, no, I don't want to read that. It's like, are you nuts? Mm-hmm. Even, like, Amy McNamara, right? Like, I think he absolutely should write a book someday. And you bring it up. It's like, ah, no one wants to read my dumb words. But yes, yeah. we what do. are you talking about? <laughs> That's just Andy in general. He's so frustrating about, like, things that actually have value to the world that he has. Yeah. It, it, it's so internalized to it, a degree. I, I, I think I cracked it. It's, he really respects video game history. But if that video game industry touches him at all, then it's garbage. It's so frustrating. It's, yeah. Because he it. He has played, like, a pivotal role in, like, the video game press. Right. You know, I feel like he should put words down about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to say that I do hope that more, you know, developers give the behind the scenes videos and stuff like that because I think it will also help humanize them in a way that mm-hmm. we really need and yeah. and like the example of that bug stuff you know that's the kind of thing that people will just go online and be like oh they still haven't fixed this you know they're lazy or whatever fix. Why they yeah. fix lazy game yeah. Yeah, so giving giving them that behind the scenes look of the actual process and also the actual human beings that are working on this I think will go a long way towards helping Yeah, because people just don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I think a large problem of that is, like, a lot of people who do that sort of thing don't read, like, the big pieces that come out from, like, The Verge, Mm -hmm. which has done a great job of, like, cataloging, you know, just emotional burnout and Mm -hmm. stuff. I think, like, having that documentary form, Mm -hmm. that would be a game changer. Right. It's it's shocking, like, with... Some extent with the Jedi Fallen Order doc uh, and raising Kratos specifically, it's like when the conclusion of every video game documentary is like making games is impossible. What a nightmare! <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a weird thing for the medium, but I think it is important to show that like this is a glimpse of what these developers are going yeah. through and how much they have to bust their ass to make yeah. this happen. Well, like imagine if Bethesda had had done that with Fallout 76. You know, not right. that it would make the game any better, but well, maybe people would feel a little more sympathetic and wouldn't be so quick to on, you know, and, like, accuse everyone of just it being a cash grab. Like, I'm sure there are very talented people who are very passionate about trying to make this project, and we just don't think of them. Yeah, well, cool. to be fair, I mean, Danny O'Dwyer did a no-clip documentary on Fallout 76, but one of the, and I love Danny's work, but I think one of the weird things there was that was, like, a preview documentary, and I mm. think if it would have been, if there's a follow-up and you could have seen, like, the impact of that launch and how much developers were probably... Uh, you know, killing themselves, staying late, trying to write that ship. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's years of people's lives. Right. And I think that's a really hard thing to make people realize, you know, who aren't in the industry. You know, because right. it's very easy for us to know that because we've been working, you know, uncovering that sort of thing for years. Yeah. You know, someone who just goes out and they buy Call of Duty and, you know, Fortnite or whatever, it's very easy, I think, for them to get frustrated because they don't know the human cost. But even then, I always love Jeff Corpus' angle where you bring this up to him. And it's like, yeah, the developers really killed themselves to make this one. And he goes, like, not my problem. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, reviews, it's like, hey, you, yeah. you should buy this for $60 or you should not. Like, I understand, and there is obviously a human component here, but, like, I can't let that factor in. Not for my sure. problem. Yeah, yeah, it it, it no, doesn't no. make the games better, but right. respect 
the fact that human beings are the ones making it and don't go on the internet and you know yeah. tell people to go get Dots cancer and stuff <laughs> yeah that because you didn't like a game and I, I do think if they actually saw them as people first and not you know a developer name as a corporation you mm-hmm. know that would help yeah humanize yeah. it a little bit yeah for mm-hmm. sure Hey, uh, thank you so much for swinging by uh, my cold basement, Elise. Uh, you're half of a block of ice uh, at this point, but I appreciate cold. it. Do you want to give out your Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at, it's just Elise Favis, my full name. And Favis um, is spelled? F-A-V-I-S. What is the etymology of Favis? What's it's going on Greek. There? Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm part Greek, part French, and part German. Wow. And all cool. What, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, great. And Washington Post Launcher, follow that. It's going to yeah, be a fun time um, moving forward. Launcher.gg is actually, uh, it's it, it's interesting because we wanted .com, uh, but we they would have had to pay like some crazy like $300,000 or something. Yeah. Like they did not want to give that up. <laughs> anyway, so it's Launcher.gg and you can um, you can follow all that stuff on Washington Post. Doing lots of cool stuff. That's very exciting. Uh, really, yeah. though, check out Launcher, like, the pieces you guys have put out in such like a short amount of time it's just great yeah. from all of you yeah we're very features driven so um, a lot of fun like behind the scenes stuff and um analysis yeah and, uh, there was a particularly a hideo kojima profile that i think gene, gene wrote that yeah gene park did that was Ooh, really very good. eloquently and done and the art like we're I mean, I know I work there, but it's like it's very visually. The art stuff. is so frustratingly good. <laughs> like I just do. If someone, yeah, it's it's so good. I gotta check it out. Part of sure. it is like we, co- we contract illust- like, uh, sorry, uh, we have commissions, you know, done by like illustrators, right. and then some of that's also just done in house. So that's amazing. Pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, JV, you want to plug anything? Uh, you're back on Twitter. You're gonna give that yeah, plug out. Uh, I don't even remember. Is it? It's at Ivy underscore JV. If you want to follow me there. Yeah. But uh, I don't really have anything. To, like, I'm working on a bunch of personal projects. Oh, cool. That maybe within the year I can say something about. But that's about it. Uh, and Terra Bruno PR. Yeah, stuff. I work for Terra Bruno PR, which means that I worked as, like, an extension of, like, private division and stuff. So I work with those folks on, like, yeah. the Outer Worlds and uh, Disintegration, which is coming up and looks cool. Yeah, for sure. That's the one from one of the Halo co-creators. Yeah, the Halo. Marcus Leto. Leto. Yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. Um Again, we're going to be taking next week off for the MinMax show. We'll still have some content trickling out. We'll have posts on Patreon and stuff like that, videos on the YouTube channel. But it's going to be kind of a, a, a strange week here for MinMax. But we could use some time to relax, enjoy your families and friends, and then come out swinging for 2020. And the viewers should take that time, too. Spend time with your family. Yeah. Stop listening to so many podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> What's with all these yeah. long podcasts? Podcast. Sweet. Uh, Justin, do you have a message for uh, anybody? Uh, happy holidays and... Honestly, and genuinely, just thank you to the entire community. They, they have been awesome this entire time, and it's always fun. And I'll be looking in the Discord chat for people posting pictures of the tabletop games they're playing with their family Ooh, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be super fun. I look forward to a fun 2020, and we definitely want to hear what you'd like us to do in 2020 as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Bye. Bye. Bye.